Test, 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 JD. Test, 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 Connor. Test, test, test. Hey, this is JD, JD, JD. And this talking, is Connor. Talking, talking, talking. Okay, now Connor, you talk. I will talk, and this is how I'll do it. Talking like this and saying it, saying sounds. Everything's normal. JD, test, 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 JD, JD. This is what it sounds like. Okay, so here's my theory. That's what I like to say is my test. <laughs> that will also be the name of a solo show that you do in some medium at some point. What is it? Okay, here's my theory. Yeah. That'll be your public radio uh, show. Okay, I think we're... It'll be one of those catchphrases that will always feel not like a catchphrase. It'll flow so naturally, even when you've grown sick of saying, having to start every show with it. Uh, okay, here's my theory. I think that drugs are bad and that candy is good. I'm J.D. Amato, and this has been my theory. God, I'm so stressed out. This stresses me out. The new device? Yeah. What so about it? It's for viewer listeners. Uh, I bought a new device for us to record. A on. fancy modern new device. It could yeah. be a real game changer. I think it, and I think it will be. It's just that I've never used it before. So we don't know what could go wrong with it. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess we just got to... And do you have a way of looking at it to make sure that it's it's verifying that things are good? Well, that's what I'm Oh, but scared. you don't know how to trust it. Exactly. Learning to trust. Episode 12. I want to increase our... And now I don't even know what... Because on the old task cam, I knew what levels were good and bad and here. Those are the old ways, JD. They served us well. But they also would occasionally betray us. And we don't know what the new betrayal will be, what form it will take. Welcome to 12-Hour Day, Episode 12, The, the New Betrayal. <laughs> uh, we're starting this out in a, in a break room. At Embassy Row, which is where I'm currently working. Oh, God, this stresses me out. Every time I hear something, I'm like, oh, no. Is, this is that a new digital glitch? Is that the new betrayal? Is this the form yes. the new betrayal Is this take? the betrayal? Um, all right, so let's go down to get this extra microphone. Yeah. So the, this episode might be the most tech-heavy opening we've had, maybe. Yeah. So far, it's been a few, a couple of minutes of pure tech. But it's emotionally tinged. Like, that's why I think it's still listenable, is because tech heads will be listening for the details. They want to know what kind of gear you bought. They probably have some opinions about it. But people who are put off by that are drawn in by the emotion of it. JD's worried. I'm trying to be comforting, but I'm out of my depth. Yes. Nothing I could say would be reassuring to you. I just flinched because I thought maybe the strap broke on this and yeah. the thing was going to come crashing down. Yeah. But that's a sturdy strap. Everything about what you bought looks solid. We're in an elevator now. One of those very large elevators that feels almost like, it feels like a freight elevator. Do they use this for freight? I'm sure you could. You could, but it doesn't have the, the, it's very clean and nice, sort of a hybrid freight ah, see now. executive. What's happening? Nothing. I'm just trying to get the levels right. Yeah. You think they're right? I mean, we're in an echo chamber right now. Exactly, but you are maybe a little louder than maybe. I wanted. Maybe. No, not you talking. I'm just saying. Maybe. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 
Okay, we're now. heading outside onto Van Damme Street. Is it Street? Yeah. Yeah, now we've got to find. And the first order of business, which this will be, I won't say too much, because I think it's good if this episode unfolds naturally without too many. There's some reveals, maybe, some things that could happen in this episode that we don't want to tip our hat to, but we need to pick up a, a third microphone. Yeah, you should also, um, we should introduce ourselves again. Hi, I'm Connor. Hi, and I'm JD. Welcome to 12 Hour Day. And this is 12 Hour Day with JD and Connor. Each episode of this podcast is a, uh-oh. JD just got a phone call, so I'm going to. Oh, and we're also getting a lot of wind, so I'm going to cover my microphone with my hand so that you don't hear that. We're walking backwards down the street, and JD's checking a message. Uh, right now, I'm at the corner of Hudson and Van Dam, which is the West Village, I think, technically. Uh, but it's all very business. On, on these, these blocks down here are all very... Businessy, A lot of buildings that, unless you work there, you might not even know what goes on in them. I've been to a couple of auditions in, a, in some of these buildings. Uh, I think always for things that I did not get. I don't, I don't have any association with doing an audition in this part of town and it being a successful one. Uh, I think you can stop covering. Okay. God, I hate this. But it might be that it's just going perfectly, right? Right. But right now you feel like, oh, it could be a little too perfect. Right. So for people that don't know, That's a nice icebreaker. I mean, you start listening to a podcast that will continue for twelve hours. This is our twelfth episode, which is special to us. Yeah. Because uh, those numbers line up. Because those are the same numbers. And so, for the first eleven episodes, I used one recorder, and for a while it was, I had a handheld microphone and Connor had a wireless lav. Now we will have two, soon to be three wireless lobs, and I have a new recorder. This is the first day I'm recording with this new recorder. It's like, it's like buying a car, and the first drive you make with it is across the country. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get the feel of it, and you know that you're not going to stop driving it for a long time, so you're having to adjust on the go. Right, it's like... Like, it's you're like, literally pulling out of the dealership, and you're not stopping until you get across the country. Right. Or it's like uh, a newborn baby, their first meal being an all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah. That's, well, that one, I would say, that particular analogy, like, that, would, that implies that it's going to go very badly. Why? Do buffets go badly? Well, I think, presuming that you had enough fuel, you could do a cross-country thing in one go. If there were ways around it, there'd be unpleasant things you'd have to work out. But if you fed a newborn baby an all-you-can-eat buffet, and you really fed it to them. Right. Because a baby, a newborn baby can't feed itself. Yeah. So you'd really be putting it in. Putting it in. Okay, I think we're close. Where are we headed to? What address? I actually don't know oh. is the answer to that question. Interesting. Um, uh, it's August 25th, the day we're recording this, and uh, we are in the... August 25th, 2016. We're in the last days of summertime, 
it's not horrible out, but it's not great either. Exactly. Like, it's been worse in recent weeks in New York City. It's been very humid, and there is a slight breeze, and we're mostly walking in shady areas, but I am already sweating. Uh, now I'm walking in direct sunlight, and I don't like that. Have you been to Bethany's office before? I didn't even know that either of you worked in this part of town. Well, I've only been working here for a week. Um, did you text Bethany? I did, and that's who I was trying to call. Yeah. I've been to her office, but for some reason... We could text Keith and maybe see if he knows. I think that's it. JD is... I feel more confident with you being lost yeah, and finding right. a way than I would be with most people. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if it was me and I didn't know where I was going, I would think, like, oh, I just maybe, like, really screwed up. But I think you'll find where we're going pretty quickly. Uh, this is it. This Th is This it. building? Yeah, we've got to be on this side. Alright, let's head back. Okay, so we're down uh, on Canal Street here. And Keith always lets me borrow a lob for 12-hour day. But he couldn't, I couldn't get to him, so he gave it to Bethany, his wife, to have me pick it up from her at her office, which is near my office. God, and now just the levels stress me out. And I know, listener, you're listening to this, and you're either going... It sounds fine. It sounds fine. Or you're going like, he's right to be stressed. This sounds terrible. That was a, uh, a, a traffic cop who was blowing that whistle. You might have heard that. You're hearing some real sounds of downtown New York City where the traffic comes to go away. Uh, there's a soft pretzel on some uh, industrial... Ooh. Yeah. Okay, now okay, we're Now we are walking between trucks. We're like basically in the middle of the street in a maze of cars. Uh, that oh. was intimidating. Oh, boy. It's a warm day, but not horrible. But it, Con could, it could get there, though. Well, Connor has a way of finding... Uh, what's, the, what, what's the opposite of finding the silver lining in a cloud? Uh, uh, the gray interior. Yeah, Connor's... <laughs> Although... That metaphor, I love clouds because they block the sun, and I, uh, I wouldn't mind a gray interior. Right. Uh, yeah, for me, the silver lining around a cloud is actually ominous because it's that sun trying to peek through, trying to bust through so it can cook us. Right. It's all the sun wants is to burn. You don't think the sun is the giver of life? The, no. thing, the thing that allows I think us? That's, I think that's that's what an abuser says. The sun wants to make us think that we couldn't live if it were to go away. But we couldn't. You we need would... me. You'll need me. If you were going to cast, if I was going to cast someone as the role of the sun, it would be like mid-90s Robert De Niro in this boy's life. You'll need what I'm doing. You'll need what I'm doing. I give you life. We chose right. This is the right building. The right, right building? Yeah, it's the correct one. All right. Bethany said our names would be at the front. Now, that building, I believe, 
could be wrong. No, maybe it's that building up there. We're near where Catherine Mudon works. Oh. Where I'm Too Fragile for this episode is we're filmed. Oh. We are in a fancy lobby. We need to get our ID. We are in the line to go give our IDs to go to offices where we will be guests. Look, Miss Bethany, you should get your ID out. Got it. That was quick. Yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, we're going to Breckles and Company Law Offices on the 107th floor. Absolutely. Thank you. I like this blue. You just got visitor decals. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, is that trademark politeness that we do? Oh, yeah. Such a bother to uh, that one guy. <laughs> That's a reference to the That's one person who didn't even complain. Didn't even complain, but we took it as a complaint and we refer to it all the time as if it was a complaint that we were polite. Too polite. Too polite. I didn't notice that until we got that, so I think I'm aware of it anytime we habitually say something that's mannered, well mannered. Yeah, well, just don't listen. All right, we got 18 minutes to get to the chop house. I know. Do you want to look up where it is? Uh, it's in Midtown. Close to the cab. I don't know. This time of the day, it might be easier to get a, a train straight up. You used to do Google Maps? Yeah. Google Maps will tell you. Hi, we're here to see Bethany Hall. What does map say? Uh, it says it's 25 minutes in traffic right now, or uh, 17 minutes if we go to the one and and. Uh, Okay, let's take a walk. Long yeah. And then walk seven minutes from. Oh, and I, whenever there's a long walk, I always. I mean, we'd basically be getting the one up to Penn Station. And it's on West 36th. It's on West 36th? Yeah. I thought it was over by. 36 and 6. Oh. Okay. Nice to I got the right one. Keen Steakhouse? Yeah, no worries. We're just friends picking something up from her also. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's expecting you. I just emailed her. Cool. Um, Bethany! Hi, Bethany. How are you? There she is. Thank you. How's it going, guys? 
Good. How Good. are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> Thank you for this. It took literally no effort at right. this part. Oh. You guys want a treat? No, we're fine. We're currently recording. We're on the, you're on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice here. It's lovely. Be the, you can be the guinea pig for this part working. Unless you have to run away to work. Oh. Uh, I can just do it right here. Unless this is bothering some, some to you. I can go outside if you want us outside. No, no, I just love You don't want all this equipment right here. Uh, no, this is such a nice setup. Uh, it'll go quiet for a second. Yeah. Your friend for lunch. Sure, do you want to hold on to this real quick? Who's the friend? Oh, we're, saving it, we're saving it. We're saving it. You don't have to tell me. Do you want to um, say something real quick, Bethany? I'll hear about it. Just so I can hear that the levels work. Hey, this is Bethany Hall talking. I'm currently at my unnamed job. Oh, should I, should I remove the name of it? Could you say yeah. it at the door? Right, we'll, no name. We'll yeah. remove the name of it. My we'll no add name those bells. day job. What, yeah, what should we add instead? A bell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, pick your noise. Oh, no, you could make up a fake name for a company, and we'll just put it in there. I'll yeah. Add it in oh, there. at... Um, at Freckles Incorporated. Great. So when you heard when you heard Bethany's voice say that when I said the name of where we were going to the doorman downstairs, this is why. Maybe <laughs> um, so you, you should dub your name saying it in so it's, the reveal doesn't happen until now. Okay. Uh, Freckles Incorporated. Yeah, Freckles Incorporated on the 59th floor. The 107th floor. Freckles and Company. Freckles uh-huh. and Company. Wait, what did you say? Freckles, Freckles Incorporated. Fre- Freckles and Company is better. Uh, we're going to Freckles and Company law offices on the 107th floor. I love it. Great. Thanks. And, and um, Freckles always have company. Exactly. Think about it. Yeah, Freckles don't exist alone. No, that's just a mole. Exactly. All right. See you guys. Good to see you, Bethany. Right. Thank you. Bye, Bethany. Good to see you. Bye. Bye. Good to see you. Bye. Have a nice Thank you. Yay. You too. Is this the top floor? Uh, yeah, the 107th floor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I believe so. A lot of elevators. Yeah. Like we didn't have to wait very long at all because there's so many elevators. Exactly. There's always one close. Uh, Do we need to email our friend or message our friend to say we'll be a few minutes late? Yeah. All right. Oh, he just texted me. Hopefully he's late. That's always a good feeling when you're late and then you get the message from someone else saying, I'm going to be a little late. Because then you'd be like, hey, no problem, man. And it's like you're doing them the favor when you were going to be late. It's also a fast elevator and a smooth elevator. It's the second elevator of the episode. In a, in a podcast that, unless I'm mistaken, I don't think has been particularly elevator heavy. Like, I don't know that... Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't feel like we ride a lot of elevators. What's that? Oh. Your visitor's oh. Do you want it? Well. I don't know. Now I'm here. Just in case. <laughs> Thank you. See, I didn't put mine on. I put mine in my pocket. You put yours on, and it was not adhesive enough to hold. It fell off pretty quickly. Also, I'd like to point out that that, woman, that woman's approach to the situation was... I had a bunch of things in my hand. The tag fell off. Mm-hmm. And she chose to... Step over it and look down at it. But not pick it up herself. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so where are we going? Right here. Um, but also, she she sounded very alarmed, and you're in a state where you're already panicked that your very expensive gear is going to fall off. God, am I? So did that panic you for a second? She was like, "Oh, sir, you dropped your." Mm, ah. Yes, that's. I thought that that was. She was like, "You dropped the batteries that are powering your." Yeah, I thought something fell off. Wait, where are we going? We're going uptown, so go across here. Uh, uh, Tyler and I have become separated. What did you say about me, JD? I said we've become separated. Because I went and stood in the Fuck. shade of the thing. Oh, shit. What's happening? Here, hold on to this. Okay. Oh, your pack came off? Yeah, uh, no, the the third one that you're holding. i got to figure out where to clip this. Uh, no, thanks. Good. One too many microphones here. This will go like this. Uh, we don't need a fan. We got a bunch of them already listening. I'm JD Amato. Right, we are in the subway oh, at Canal Street. Canal Street. The man giving out fans. I don't know if he has an agenda or not. Uh, let's head to the the high end of the train. standing next to um, Subway ad for Adam Ruins Everything, which stars my friend Adam Conover on True TV. And at the moment in New York City, this show is being heavily promoted, particularly in the subway, which is a, that's a big place where you, if something is being promoted in New York City, I feel like the way that it gets promoted is subway ads. Like, if something really has a big ad campaign, that's where you see it. If you were to visit Times Square right now, uh, I believe they still have almost the entire station. There's this whole section of the station that is nothing but Adam Ruins Everything promotion. Like the pillars, the, uh, the turnstiles, the walls, there's posters just everywhere. Oh, no. Can I help you with any of that? No. Okay. I think it's okay. All right. Oh, boy. Your stress level for this episode is through the roof. Yeah. But you're not grumpy. You're just like, you got a lot going on. Exactly. Okay. No, I'm in a good mood. I'm stressed about this equipment. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's new equipment, and it's a lot of equipment. Why is it? Yeah. 
Test, test. Oh, that's too loud. I mean, it's a pretty test, sweet test, setup. Test. As long as you're seeing that red button on, that means it's recording, right? Yeah. That red light. Yeah, I think we're doing all right. communicated with our friend? Yeah. And he's, he knows and he's all right? Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said what the reservation was under. Then I said, en route, had a hold up, probably 10 minutes late. We had a 12-hour crisis of conscience. He said, oh my, I hope you recover between then and here. Oh. So when was our first episode? I guess we could look it up. Connor's currently chugging a sparkling water. Um, it would have been maybe the end of. Uh, I'm gonna look at it because I can just look at. Uh, there is December 29th. What year? What? Guess what year? Either 2012 or 2013. 2013. Yeah. December 29th, 2013. Yeah. Um, that was such a long time ago. Uh, I want to get into something to think about that we'll talk about later. Yeah. Is how you think we've both changed in those almost three years. episode, like, what were we working on? Uh, I think I was getting ready for the first season together. Or the pilot. The pilot, I think. Oh, yeah, I think it was the pilot. The Comedy Central pilot, because when was that film? That was in 2014, right? Season 1 was 2015, season 2 is 2016. I think. I actually don't remember anymore. When was the hundo? <laughs> I've lost all contacts for a guest show. Yeah. Okay, so we're house. So we're going to 34th? Yeah. Okay. And you sure you have the right address? It's Keen's Steakhouse. I looked up the, the one that came up and it was 36. Okay. Do you want to confirm it with him? Is there another one? It's not in Brooklyn, is it? That's it, right? Yeah, 36 and 6. That's what you said? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, oh, is it diff- Chop House different? I don't know. I looked up Keens and it brought up Steakhouse. Maybe. Stressed. Yeah, because I don't have a signal and it's chop house different. Come on. I don't have any signal. I have signal. Oh. No, that's what it says. That's what it automatically goes to. I'll look it up. I can't search. I can't. Um. Yeah, that's it. There's no other one. Okay. Um, okay, we're in fine shape then. like this episode started out with a lot of jitters a lot of jitters and it's all been jitters I feel like we're going to settle into a pretty good yeah home. we should go to the training center after heat yeah and just sit down and talk for a little bit yeah and then our other thing Where's that at? they've been changing the, di- the time on us to what then what I don't know I mean I'm free till 11 yeah and then you have that from 11 to 12. I mean, only for half of it. Oh, right. I could also try to plug into the board. We should probably jump to that train, right? Yeah. Absolutely, we should. We're going local to Express. We're going local to Express. When stuff like that happens, I feel like the fates are on your side. Yeah. When, like, the... Express pulls up right when you need it. Yeah. And clear of the closing doors, please. Um, to give further context to today, um, we are two days until my 41st birthday. Um, it was on, this is a, today is a Thursday, and my birthday is on Saturday. Right, so you had just turned 39 when we first recorded it. Yeah. I've been, well, I was like 39 and a half at that point, I guess, right? Yeah, sure. Because um, we were, it was in December. Right. We recorded it. Um, and How are you feeling going into 41? I feel fine. I mean, the, uh, the, I think the thing I'm feeling at the moment Waiting. Oh, no, just using this second mic. Right in the immediate present, I feel like I'm really struggling with my weight. With your weight? Yeah. Uh, that uh, just been finding it very hard to keep it because I'm getting older. My metabolism is slowing, and but I will say 
I think you could give working out a chance. Well, I, be, I have been. But you do your recumbent bike. Yeah. But that's as far as weight losing. Yeah. If you just started jogging, not running, just like yeah. jogging, I think you would start seeing. I just feel like I would hurt my knees a lot. But see, jogging, if you jog, not running. Yeah. I may. You could. What I, I'm, I think you could. I think you could start doing some simple workout stuff that would go a long way. One thing that I'm going to be able to start doing a little bit more of once it gets to autumn is going and just walking every day, like walk in Central Park, like walk a lot more. Yeah. That's part of it is in the summertime. Uh, do you swim? Uh, I know how to, but I wouldn't say that I do. Because swimming is a great thing, especially if you have knees and things like that. Yeah. It's really easy on your joints. Uh, I feel like it'd be interesting to see you give like exercise beyond the common bike a try. I think because also there's studies that prove that the mental health the what the mental health benefits of, of like uh, distance running. might be correct. You said it with a classic Connor skeptical maybe that meant that you're not actually going to take that advice. Right. We are leaving Penn Station. had like you have a great metabolism I do to the point that I actually have a scale have, in my apartment because my doctor has demanded that I gain weight yeah I think we're different but what we're talking about is less about weight more about being in shape and exercise let's go this way why isn't it on 36 is it yeah. I thought it was a block over though oh but regardless why risk it why risk it I just think even beyond the weight stuff, uh-huh. just the mentality and the feeling of being in shape, Yeah, it just improves your life in major ways. And I, I, don't, I don't mean like being an Olympic athlete. I just mean like 
working in a casual jog a couple times a week or a swim a couple times a week. Yeah. Or even, I bet you could get really into not like meditative blah 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 yoga, but just like basic physical. Well, see, I wanted to. Because you sort of live your life like that anyway, because it's all about just finding these things where the challenge and benefit is doing it and committing to it for a certain amount of time. It's not about achievement, it's just about routine, you know what I mean? I think for me, a lot of it is certain things like that take up time that I feel like I don't have in my schedule, and the recumbent bike, I'm able to get other things done while exercising. Right, but you can... You can listen to podcasts and do things like that while you work out. Yeah. But I also, something that I've started doing recently is I've realized that I didn't have enough what I would call meditative moments in my life. Yeah. Which was moments where there wasn't something being shot into my skull. Uh-huh. Be it TV, radio, podcast. I would go to sleep at night with podcasts on. Yeah. And so I've been making sure to like... Have some silence. Certain subway rides near that, like have nothing... At night, I've actually moved away from uh, listening to things on in the background while I sleep. Yeah. Which was a bit, you know, that's something I've been doing for years. Yeah. So it was a big adjustment. But I found that I'm sleeping more restfully. Yeah. Just because your brain needs time to work on its own. That's what I feel. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, I think that's like... I have things like that in terms of uh, certain circumstances where I feel like I want to go out of my way to not have media. Right. Uh, Because on the one hand, like, when I initially, you know, I used to go around with a disc man and listen to CDs when I walked around. Right. And the iPod was such a revolutionary thing because it, it meant you could access stuff depending on what your environment was. You could score it, you know? Right. Uh, you but, do that long enough, you sort of forget what a novelty it is to actually just soak in the actual atmosphere exactly. of where you're at. Exactly. I feel the exact same way. Ugh. All right, here we are. All right. We're 12 minutes late. That's not so bad. It's not so bad. It's not good, though. All right. Should we say who we're meeting with? Uh, they'll probably find out based on uh, the reservation. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. 
How's it going? Hey. Nice to see ya. Oh, you want oh. to I'm going to scooch around. Yeah. Nice big table here. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hi there. Hey. Great to see you. Great to see you. Oh, man. Oh, awesome. Are, you, no, all, are you all charged up? We are. Oh, we're all charged up. We're all charged up. Charged. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to slip you this. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. I'll, I'll mic myself up. Exactly. How exciting. So we have new, <laughs> new equipment that's stressing me out. Oh, okay. You know, I, I thought like uh, I, I was I was worried that just like the idea of this and like you, you had not discussed it or somehow oh, it was no. like breaking like an ethical code of like. And I was saying like, no, no JD, no, I won't go. No I won't nice, go. No We've been nice fighting. For me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, we're, we're well, selling out. Well, you said you had a like a, a crisis, a, a crisis of conscience, <laughs> which like, was did I go awry in upgrading technology? So I went it, from a two-channel recorder to a four-channel recorder. Uh-huh. So that, that is that I would think like the the mic and the wireless part would be the really tricky. I mean actually everything about it seems incredibly tricky to me. Well so that's what was tough is that so we've used this like two channel task camera recorder for we've now realized like three years. Sure. And then just this week, because of this we like keep having people that we want to talk to and we have to do the dumb Right, right, right. So I was like, I'll just get a four channel recorder. The, the, the cable T V. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But now that actually local local newscasts. Yes, cable TV. They would just yeah, they would yeah, do they it right. have labs But now this is like we're saying like this is the first time I'm using this equipment. So it's like test drive. It's like buying a car and driving right. off the lot and then across <laughs> the country to LA. Right. So I'm I just keep getting stressed that like every time I hear something I'm like is this working is this okay? Well, I I wish I had had the the other you know, the two new mics to like put on the guys who are over there who are like doing this like David Mamet reenactment like hedge fund that, like right. every every fifth word which is kind of all I could hear was just like fucker <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, it's really it was insane this does this place kind of does resemble the all the scenes where it's uh, Pacino and Jonathan Price and, and they're just like lounging oh, yeah. well, well well, this is like the American film. Isn't that like a Chinese restaurant? I feel like I actually ate at that restaurant Oh, really? Once. But, I mean, maybe it's just like if you go to a deeply old Chinese restaurant, it's got that. Yeah. Can I see your receiver? Oh, oh. Real quick? oh is, it, is it all good? I never understand anything about the tech of what this is, but my basic sense of what JD's stress is is that he knew how the old equipment broke. And right. The, the, well, new, the new equipment might not be no breaking small at all. Thing. It, might not be, it might be working perfectly, but he doesn't know... Am I uh, oh, am I? Was I not on? Uh, I'm trying to figure that out. I think you're okay. good. Well, I see, like, signal. Yeah. Congratulations good. on your uh, 12th episode. Thank you. It's exciting. It is. And I don't think a, we've introduced who you are as well because we just walked in and immediately handed you a mic. Oh, right. We said which party we were meeting. Oh, yeah. And we said hello, John. So keen listeners will... Keen. Keen listeners will... Yes. Uh, have put the, the math together. We are with Mr. John Flansburg himself. Of They Might Be Giants. Of They Giant. Might Be Giants. Yes. Who we met... People don't know I'm famous. Well, that... There must be a... A positive to the fact that you have a level of fame that people... There are people who would, like, lose their mind knowing who you are. 
but you're also not someone whose face is plastered everywhere. Yeah, so I guess that's no. I think I think we have life. we have successfully clawed our way to the middle, which is a very unusual place to be because I don't think that people get, usually stay there very long. You know, it's a it's a it's a funny, but but we're not here to talk about the no. Mighty Giants. We're here to talk about everything else, everything else. especially everything else. As, yeah. and and especially. Uh, How's, how's your lady coat? Are you preparing your lady coat for uh, the winter? Uh, did it I, make the cut, or did you reject it after the... I had it repaired a little bit last year. In uh, other, and, like, you had the buttons sewn on the other side of the... Well, it started. there were parts of the pockets that started to fray a little bit. So. Uh-huh. Oh, and, so you actually got good use out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and this will be... How, I think the winter that I started was December... I think when I got it was December of... Maybe 2010. I'm I'm confused as to how how often do you do episodes? I've, I have the tw- I have the twelve, right? But has it been going on before? No, then? no. We, so we just, just some context yeah. is that we met at the Gethard show and then you yes. started listening to the podcast. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but I, I haven't like tracked like when they were right. posted or how old. The, I mean, I just we listened just, to them we ambiently. Just, we just now realized that we started in December of 2013. The podcast. Oh, okay. So it's, it's actually every other going. month. It feels like. Every two months or so, we about do an episode. But that can't but, be... No, but this year, this is only our second episode of this year. Because this year, we've gotten very busy. So right, yeah. right. We've only done two episodes this year? This is the second episode the second this year. Episode. But we released an episode this year that was recorded at the end of last year, right. I think. Because yeah. when, when I heard that, I immediately thought of uh, this experience I had. Have you ever heard of barber coats? A friend of mine has a this English... It's made by what is that? that Barbary or, or bar, yeah, yeah. barbor? It's like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a, it's a it's a really stodgy, super old fashioned Brit kind of. It's it's real like Downton Abbey. Right. It's waxed. It's, it's made of waxed. Is it? Like, I'm, I'm picturing like that place near like near Piccadilly Circus where it's uh, it curves up to Oxford Street like that row of places where they have a lot of like fancy. It's a, it's it's like it's. You know, it's the, for people who hunt. It's it's cl- right. clothes for people who hunt. Oh, okay, yeah. And I bought this coat because a friend of mine had a similar coat, and it was, it's wax. It's very strange. It's extremely warm, but it's it's not too thick. It doesn't have like down in it or anything. Yeah. It's just layers of waxed wool or cotton. And um, and I was in the store, and I put the coat. I was trying on the coat to you know just yeah. see if it fit, and um, all you know all the stuff was reversed. And right. I was and I was like, dude, like this is the ladies' coat. Like yeah. I'm, I'm I'm hip to this. Yeah. Right. And uh, and he informed me that in fact it's not it's not it wasn't a ladies' coat. It was actually it's it's designed for people people who have dressers, people right. who are dressed. Oh, and the whole thing of it being on the other side is not out of gender. Uh, it's not. Right. It's not like gender normative. Mm-hmm. It's actually um, whether you have a dress or whether you're high class or low class. And basically, all female fashion, once the idea was introduced, went over to that. Right. Yes. I mean, I think. I think. I mean, I'm sure. You know, people who really know more deeply about this topic. I just went to a store and bought a coat. Yeah. And the guy gave me the. He was like, no. This is not some very low-key version of See, now, transvestitism. I, I named my coat the lady coat. Uh-huh. But the, the way... It is not a lady's coat in the sense that the buttons are... Uh, they're on the man's side. Oh, they are? 
but it, everything about it. Oh, but it has they, like a high waisted. Uh, kind of I, 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 I had to. I did some close listening. Maybe it's for a lady who was to be dressed. Maybe it is a lady what? coat, but it's fancy. It's to be. A lady gets dressed Would by a dresser. Would you be dressed in your coat, though? Would you need someone to put your coat I think, on? I, I think, that, you know, that's an open question. It's, <laughs> it's a real open question. Yeah, yeah. At I, what point I, do you go, it's actually easier just for me right. to do this? I, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, I mean, at that point, you're just going outside. I think they right. just do it all. I mean, I mean it's, right. it's, uh, it's job protection, you know? Could you imagine having a dresser? I'd hate it I so could, much. I can barely... I'm dating someone, I feel embarrassed for everything that I do, let alone... Having someone whose job is to be like, oh, you want to wear that shirt today? Okay. Oh, I think the dressers dress you. I think they tell you what you're wearing. They tell you what you're wearing and they put it on you. Right, but... They set it all up. You don't do anything. Really? Yeah. So you just walk... I guess I... I guess, I, I, it's, guess it's, I, I like how my fantasy of a dresser is I still have to be like, oh, wear these jeans again. I can't even imagine that you'd walk into a room and they'd be like, here's your outfit for the day, Mr. Motto. Yeah. I yeah. Can't, it's hard, it is hard to imagine. I mean, it's just... It's, yeah, it seems like another... I don't know. I'm sort of fascinated by how weird that era is because historically it's actually a really, really short period of time. Right. You know, like, and yet the way they lived, it was like it had always been that way. Like, it's a really interesting tradition idea in a culture. They yeah. They were like, these are the traditions. Yeah, it's like, this is the way we've always done it. Right. You know, even though if you look at that sort of Victorian Edwardian era, it really starts in like 1875, I guess, and, right. and then ends in like 1920. And I feel like culturally we take that on to, like, we imagine that to be like, oh, anything before a certain era was all that. To the yeah. point that I wonder if there'll be stuff now that is like, oh, the 80s is what everyone's just going to assume all yeah. of this time was. Well, I always feel like um, like the grunge era is going to be the hardest period for, like, people who make period films to, like, capture appropriately because basically the coolest people looked exactly like the dullest people right like you know just the outfits right yeah. if, it, it almost comes down to like whether it's made of like a natural fiber or synthetic fiber right it will be yeah some costume designer in 200 years will win an award for hand making all of their right grunge era right. stuff exactly to specification I guess you know I would well anyway <laughs> I'll write this, it down on a piece of paper this is oh here's <laughs> yeah. something you couldn't say yeah I don't want to we do blind items where we, we silently mouth it to each other. Yeah, I know, I know. Let's not go there. We can also bleep things by request. No, 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 no. I'm not. We, 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 can, we, can, we can move along. Imagine if, if this entire conversation ends up being a big... So how are, you, how are you guys... Like, what was the thing you had to go to L.A. for? That sounds... What, uh, wait, is, or is that, just, a, is that a, a secret? Is that a that's secret? a blind item. Oh, is that a blind item? Um, what, what here's was the what food? I can say. Is... I don't... Oh, they don't say we it. Were, I can, I, I can, you can talk on puzzles. I can talk on puzzles that I think okay. you'll be able to solve. And if you can't, I will right. mouth clues. This television show walks into a bar. So I worked on a project that was up for a, a distinguished honor uh-huh. that required me to go and give an in-person presentation. Really? Yes. I'm, I'm trying to think of what, what kind of honors require... You so there's do honor, give a presentation. There's honors that are 
um, perhaps more celebrated in uh -huh. honors that are. Yeah, we can more, talk about more, we can talk about the different kinds of honors that exist so, uh, and indicate to you when we're talking about the kind of honor that this <laughs> is. Sometimes you might be honored by a friend. A friend might say to you, like, "I want to pay tribute to you. You're a good friend." That's a form of honor. Sometimes a business that you're in might uh, have an honor yeah. that they would give to you, and it would be like, "On behalf of this business, we say these are the good things in this business." Or there's honors for like, "Oh, interesting. Like you're doing something that's uh, like what you're doing and saying is really great." Or there's honors that are like you're achieving things uh, behind the scenes that are really interesting and forward-thinking. There's honors that are like uh, uh, military honors, like valor in combat. I've got a question for the group. Uh -huh. Yeah. Are you guys uh, prepared to order? I, well, I think so. I, I sort of want to gauge what people are ordering before I... Right. I mean, I, the, I think going like full steak can be done and actually is not a big deal. If uh, if you want to go full steak, also the uh, the steak salad thing is a good sort of intermediate I was choice. The, I was going with the steak sandwich. Steak sandwich, steak salad are both like you know normal normal dimension meals, but I would yeah. encourage you. Uh, speaking of honors, on behalf of your loyal listeners, I would like to oh, well, thank give you. you this honor of a delicious meal. Thank we you. Appreciate that it. means a lot. Yeah, oh. I th I think I'm going to. Everybody go. loves you guys. This is also. I don't know if I mentioned to you, but you are aware of the pie. Connor's a very picky eater. Not at all. Um, You're not at all? Not at all. You're not at all a picky eater. I mean, that's I'm overstating it, but I can find a dozen things here to eat. But that's what I'm saying, is that this was actually the perfect selection, because yeah. this actually falls exactly yeah. in line with what Connor can eat. Because we live in America. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this ever was discussed... But are you, have you ever explored the concept of super-tasting? No, I've never even heard that word. Super-tasting? Yeah. Um, I have a friend, John Lee, who's done a lot of different things in TV, mm -hmm. um, who actually is a super-taster. And um, it is this thing, and I, and I feel like it must be exactly your situation, which is that... Um, <laughs> Oh, this might line up with the theory I have about myself. Well, basically, oh, yeah, I think su super tasters are... Oh, hi. hi We're here. How are you? So, uh, I, think, I think we can just order. Um, I'm going to get the, the limeade and the, uh, the steak salad. Oh, you know, I see there are two. I don't quite get what's the difference. So the difference is Bavette steak is a hanger steak marinated in rosemary and thyme. The salad setup's identical. Uh -huh. The steak salad that you see on the main right. menu, it's a prime dry strip steak salad. The size of the steaks are the same. Okay, I'll, I'll get the regular, the regular one. Medium is fine. Oh, the limeade. I didn't see that. Yeah, there's limeade and there's like a fizzy limeade. Wait, is limeade alcoholic? No. No. Right. It's delicious. I'm a sophisticated gentleman. I know what goes into things. <laughs> I'm going to go with the steak sandwich. And a... strip steak sandwich, or would like the Bavette steak sandwich? I'm not going to lie, as I know you literally just explained this, but I was stressing out over other items of the menu. Okay, so Bavette steak is a hanger steak marinated in rosemary and thyme. Sure. A dried strip steak is just that. I'm going to go Bavette then. And I'll get a limeade as well. Okay. How do you like the steak? Uh, medium would be right. Medium? 
Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, and I will have the steak sandwich as well, but I'll have the strip. How do you like your sandwich? Medium. Thank you so much. Sorry, can you repeat that? So a super taster, is this someone who... Um, a super taster is someone basically who has the... Over the course of your life, your tongue basically devolves into a much less sensitive thing, which is why like people get sort of inured to hot sauces and right. things like that as they get older. Yeah. Um, when you're like little kids, like really little kids, actually have like way more. It's the same with like human hearing. It's right. like it's the same thing. It's like everything goes to, goes to hell like as you get older. But very precipitously, when you're a kid, your palate kind of your tongue kind of dies off. I'm not sure, like, if it, there's an evolutionary reason or if it's just like the nature of just people. Nerve relationship, nerve. but um, time, yeah. but basically, your tongue has got a lot more like sensitivity when you're two than when you're eight, and that's why little kids can't tolerate vegetables. Mm-hmm. They're super tasters. They they t- basically when they taste like any kind of green vegetable, it's mm-hmm. probably a lot closer to like what the flavor of dirt would be or what the fla- you know it just basically tastes very profoundly strange to them and and adult soup tasters are just people who have not lost that sensitivity I am a super taster there's no doubt in my mind there's no doubt in my mind that I'm a super taster because <clears throat> I wouldn't describe it that it tastes like dirt but like I don't or bio- or like biological well I don't like to me, when I see people enjoying vegetables, to me, it, I don't think there'd be any difference between almost any leafy green vegetable. And if I were just literally to go outside and find the nearest like tree or bush and just start eating yeah, those yeah, leaves yeah, off the yeah. trees, yeah. And I, I'm baffled that people will be like, "Oh no, I like this." Well, I'm here yeah. to tell you, you are not alone. Because oh. you also don't like things like hot sauce and things like that. I don't, I, but I don't mind spicy foods. A lot of times I don't like the flavor of sauce, but I don't mind spicy foods. But this, that might rebut the super tasty. Well, I think that there's different, I mean, there are different parts of your right. tongue and different, different senses. There's different kinds of super tasters. We're all different. <laughs> don't. <laughs> no, I think it's different kind of tasters. Right. But, but I think, actually, well, I, I wonder how it lines up with John Lee's situation. I mean, he was, you know, very much like just like apple pie ice cream just right. like had the most mm-hmm. sort of safe right like grilled cheese sandwiches yeah like yeah. really like no but but I don't, I don't really don't know about the, the spicy things I think I think like he didn't have any trouble with pizza yeah see some type of person where I cannot handle spicy foods I, it's like kind of vegetables I don't understand it like, you can't oh. handle spicy foods yeah when people are oh like, god I'm, I'm demonically for it I love it. I love it. Like, oh, I want the spiciest version. It's like that just feels mm. like pain. It feels like well, bad. Uh, well, yeah, that's 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 a weird. For me, I think it's it's not that I like super spicy foods, but like if it's a little bit spicy, I feel it. and I like the intensity of it. Right. But I think for me, it's that a lot of people think the food that I eat is very bland. Mm-hmm. And to me, it doesn't taste bland. And so I've always felt like I'm tasting more than people are tasting, and the things that other people like is too much for me. Right. Too much flavor. It's my relationship with any anything that affects your uh, brain chemistry at all. Caffeine, people are right. like, oh, I have coffee every day. If I have a cup of coffee, it like oh god, changes, I would never give you coffee. It changes who I am. Really? You never? I mean, I, you've ne- never acclimated to it? Never had it. 
basically since I was a kid, for a bunch of reasons, doctors were like, no alcohol, no drugs, stay away from caffeine, stay away from like. Right. Wow. I'm I'm kind of envious of that. You know, for I, I have to say, drinking coffee just brought me up to like normal, like levels of ambition that like everybody. It was it wasn't until I discovered coffee that I actually started to get anywhere in the world like I moved to New York I moved to New York and started drinking coffee the same week where are you from originally I'm, I grew up on, outside of Boston and I okay. sort of and just you know I just had a sort of a disastrous like uh, you know I went to three different colleges it was all like very really, really yeah I was kind of lost and uh, but then when I came got to New York it was like I, and it's it's so they're so intertwined like becoming a sort of a low-level coffee addict right. and being in New York which is a very exciting, I mean, right. uh, neither of you are from New York, right? No, I'm from the north suburb of Chicago. Right, so it's like, you know, you come to New York, it's like, everything changes, everything, it's like, it's it's the, the big, yes, yeah, yeah. You've never experienced New York without coffee? No, well, I mean, later on, I've, 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 I've slowed down considerably, and... Uh, It'd be hilarious if you stopped drinking coffee and suddenly realized it was a really boring place to you. Well, I'm trying to, I'm just the coffee. <laughs> I'm trying to sort of not drink so much, I'm trying to not drink coffee, mm-hmm. And it already now, when I drink coffee, it flips me out in the same way that it used to flip me out. But I think of that as a fun ride more yeah. than a, something treacherous. It takes you back. Right. Yeah, it's like it's like suddenly my sensitivity to coffee is like kicked way back up. Right. Which is ex- exciting to me. That's Cause, cool. Because you know, for a while it was like, wow, it used to take you know it takes three when it used to take two. Kind of. <laughs> Right, and then next year you have to upgrade cities to get your fix. You have to go to Abu Dhabi or Mexico City, right. or maybe it would just be Vancouver. But you know, that's that's the next. That's the cutting edge. That's yeah, the, yeah. That's the heroin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, did you hear this weird thing about Prince? They, it's it's, uh, it just came out like a couple of days ago that he that he what he died of was not what he was prescribed. He died of fentanyl. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? I, fentanyl. I, yeah, I've heard of it. I don't. It's know. like it's this new drug that is. I feel like I heard. I've heard it mentioned on ER, on the TV show ER. Fent- fentanyl. Fentanyl. It's like synthetic. It's like a synthetic morphine that's much more. It, they're they're making it in China now, and like if you buy illegal pills right. online, you can like, you can get this. Like it's basically just. What's weird is that it's super cheap. Right, it's much cheaper than heroin, so it's kind of wrecking the heroin industry as a as a right like a fake economy. It's like a Breaking Bad situation. I never, I, I couldn't watch Breaking Bad. Really, uh, a lot of things I, I can't watch. I, I couldn't, I couldn't. No, well, no, actually, you know, I lo- I love the the actor. Yeah, but I, I spent a couple of years of my life looking at like Simpty Code and writing mm-hmm. music to Malcolm in the Middle, and I just like when the show came on, I just like. As oh, as good as I, I loved, you guys didn't yeah, yeah, I lo- and I loved. I mean, it, but it was just our, like our. It was like a very intense work period, that uh, was you know, I mean, it was it was definitely the Peter principle. Like you know, I was I was not very good at it, and uh, right. you know, it was it was a very tough gig, and uh, I just, I mean, I honestly, I I feel like we just did a really bad job. So so, um, you know, it was. Uh, but it was very hard to keep up with, and when it came, when it came, I mean, Linnell is a huge fan of the show. He loves the show, and I, 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 I'm sure it's a super quality show. But you just, but I just, I just was like, I was yeah. just like, I can't, I can't stare at this guy's face anymore. Interesting. Even though he was like always the best part, yeah. like, to me, he was a real standout. 
like you know seeing like the rough edits and the stuff right. of him yeah. like it, you really got the impression like wow this guy is like super good but it feels like work like you have the, like I yeah. always would yeah. have that it's where just, I would I would like there'd be a store and I'd like it and think like oh I'll work there and then it ruins this like you can never go back in the store oh. and it browse yeah well I worked in an ice cream store it didn't ruin that didn't ruin it could you go in, you love ice cream but could you go back in that specific no. store well fortunately that's been it's been leveled <laughs> No, it was a terrible job. I'm proud of, I'm proud of myself uh -huh. here. I, I literally Googled Carter ER fentanyl, and I spelled fentanyl wrong. Uh -huh. uh, the character of Carter, played by Noah Wiley on ER, mm -hmm. he had an arc on the show. Spo spoiler for season five of ER, uh, listeners. Wow. Um, he had a, a, um, there was an incident where he was stabbed, and then they went through this, it was a really powerful arc on the show where they, they, Sort of mapped out all the different phases of like post-traumatic stress. So there'd be an without spelling it out too clearly, and it was sort of hinting at like he's gonna like end up like addicted to painkiller, and he's caught injecting fentanyl into his wrist. And I remember it from that episode, fentanyl. Wow. Um, well, fentanyl is evidently extremely strong, and it's very very hard to cal. It's so st powerful as a drug, it's very hard to calibrate. So it ends up killing people a lot of the time. Like if it's given to heroin addicts, like at it, they don't know know how to do right, the proper they can't dose. dose. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so it's, it's a, specifically. I remember it because it was a thing where he was caught shooting it up into his wrist, and there was and there were, he was like he said he just was like disposing of it into the sink, and like you can't even doing that was wrong because it's like we keep track of if we use fentanyl and then we have to get rid of it. You have to keep track of it because it's such a dangerous drug. That they have to keep like a. Connor, here's a question. But yeah. that was from a long. That's a twenty yeah. years ago. But that it would have been like a highly regulated, like for trauma in an ER. Right, right, drug, right. As opposed to if people are trying to use it recreationally. Right. As opposed to roofers from Maine. Right. Right. Yeah. I've never asked you this. I don't. Have you done drugs before? I never have. I never have. Uh, you mean before right now? Because, oh, fellas, because. <laughs> yeah. I've got a little oh surprise goodness. for you. What a lineup of <laughs> right. thing! Oh, oh my God! Very intimidating. Most of this gear is from the early 1900s. And this, the staff of Keith is lined up around us. We are in a restaurant where the ceiling is lined with pipes. Yes. Uh, I, I guess upstairs used to, in the 18, back when it really meant something to be a Republican, this was the Republican Club. These are the pipes for all the yeah. good old boys. Yeah, well, these are the you know the uh, the Lincoln. Right. Oh, those the, the Republicans. The, the, yeah. When 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 it was like you know, and also doing, when you consider things. how uh, how democratic New York City is as right. a place, right. it must have been sort of a a very strange spot. Yeah. Um, no, I never I never have even sampled anything. I think the closest. Uh, I was. I never felt the. I never felt the temptation for it. You guys uh, have done twelve hours, twelve times, and you've, this topic is. And also, you're friends. It's never come up. You want to know what it is? Is I think I we're think aware we of both it. Just assume because you, you don't drink. I don't drink. It's like when you walk down someone's house and like you see that a hallway ends. You're not like, is there a hidden door back there? Mm -hmm. I feel like I was like, no. I just assume that that there's a closet and that's it. Yeah. I mean. JV's aware that I don't do drugs, that I haven't done drugs in the time that we've known each other. Yeah. And you, I don't tell a bunch of stories that indicate that I have, but you're asking, was there ever a moment in like college or something and I where the, I like. I know the three instances that you've consumed alcohol. Mm hmm. Wow. There's three. 
and I'm at fault for one of them. I think it was more. It was more like four. Well, it was five, but I'm also in clown. I'm also counting as one of the five, just drinking a uh, free bottle of licorice liqueur that they gave me in Finland on a dare from Brandon Scott Jones. Sure. So that's the fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of them is on a web video. You can watch it. Um, for the Gethard Show, they married several couples on the air with Will Ferrell as the best man. Mm-hmm. And the day before, they're like, Connor, we want you to do a web video. And the web video is Gethard telling me that I have to host the bachelor party for all three of these grooms. And it was starting in an hour, and my budget was like $100. Yeah. And it had to be good. And so it was, it was, uh, it's a fun video, but it was very, uh, I decided they, none of them wanted to drink because they were, their weddings were literally the next day for broadcast to, to tape for on the air. So none of them wanted to drink. So I thought, well, I'll drink and that'll be interesting because I don't drink. And I drank a lot of whiskey and wine. What I remember, I don't remember the amount that I drank, but I know that Murph, you drank a lot. well, I know that Murph said, that's a lot. I remember thinking, Well, like, whiskey oh. and wine. Yeah. Wait, Murph, the sound, your sound man, Murph? No. No. Uh, different Murph, but I know, the Murph is How many Murphs about. are there? There's a lot of Murphs. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Murph, no, the, the Murph, Murph is the announcer on the Gethard show. Oh, okay. Murph yeah. was also our sound guy who worked with you guys for years. Yeah. So, wait, so you were drinking wine and whiskey, which yeah, is like. Very cheap whiskey. And it turn, turned into what I could best be described as like. Like a 19. 1940s It's a Wonderful Life style drunk. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, very just like, I love everybody. We're all good people here, and I'm just a guy that's trying to do my best, and I'm crying. It was yeah. really, it was a good look into uh, your soul, your mm-hmm. vulnerable soul of being just a kind person. Yeah, but it's very, like, liquor to me feels like medicine. Yeah. I mean, um. And it's wine. The first time that I tried alcohol, tried actually drinking, I drank a whole bottle of wine. I can't wow. get I can't get past the. It just tastes like the blood of Christ to me. <laughs> like my association with it is like you sample it for a few formative years as a kid, and then you go back to like I know what this is. I was told what this is. Right. Not heavy enough associations. Um, now, what's your relationship with? I have a, a perfectly uh, casual, uh, you know, I have a tremendous good rapport with both. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, my mother's probably listening, so I'm not going to dive in too deep. But uh, no, you know, I, I think, I think it's. Listen, I'm old. Everything's different now. Right. So, Connor, I, yeah. I wanted to ask you about your uh, music. How how do you uh, how do you consume music? Um, like, what is what do you play your music? Obviously, it's been revealed through this podcast that you're a huge music fan. Yeah. But when you actually listen to music, do you listen on earbuds while you're going to on the subway, or do you have yeah. like a little it's corner funny. hi-fi? We were just talking about this on the walk over here. 
not about how is the music, but the idea of uh, giving yourself time to not have anything that you're listening to versus not. Yeah. So it's funny that we're talking about. Oh, oh, uh, right, right, right. Well, I feel like for me, podcasting has actually encroached heavily into my not doing, my not doing, listening to anything. Like when I think of the years of my life that I spent just on the subway, staring out the window, staring at the person across the right. way. Right. Like that never happens anymore. Exactly. I've had to start building that in to my life because I realized my own. You want you want to have time for your own thoughts. Thoughts to like you know suddenly something ruminates and spins and it turns into an idea as opposed to having someone else's idea shot into my brain. But don't you think being able to come up with thoughts while someone something else is just blasting away? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, for sure. Doesn't build up your immunity to the entire world. What I'll say has been interesting is that, so I was just telling kind of to walk over here, is that I've actually, for maybe the past five or six years, when I sleep, I would have a podcast or something on in the background. And I noticed this phenomenon where as I was drifting to sleep, I would confuse what they were saying in the podcast for my own thoughts in the final oh, yeah. words before going to sleep. Like, I would think that I was thinking the thing that they were saying, and then I'd go, oh, no, this is a podcast. And that... It's stuck in my head There's the times that that happens I'm aware of it where I'm like oh this is I'm conscious of it those few times but there's probably a lot of times where I'm not conscious where that's happening mm-hmm. so I just feel like now the moments where I purposely disengage my brain is able to spin a lot more and it feels like an important thing to do and you know you're, you know for a fact you're probably thinking your own thoughts yeah so how, how do you listen to music? well a couple different ways um I feel like I'm I'm still in the process of mourning the the iPod era. Mm-hmm. Because to me, when the iPod came around, I'm like, this should be around forever. And the I still have an iPod classic. I still have a two hundred fifty gig iPod classic. But it's it's not gonna last forever. And I'm looking at the the way of like replacing it with there's those places where you can go where you can get a, a like a, a big flash drive put in and you still have the same interface as an iPod but you can. But I feel like Apple is kind of going in a direction where everything they do seems to be toward making it a little bit less convenient to even make your iPod function the way you want it to. Uh, well, that Apple Music thing. Mm-hmm. You gotta click on the no thank you thing fourteen times to make it go away. Right. Yeah. When you're accessing iTunes, it's like no, no. I have my CD still. Um, I mean, do you have like big old speakers and like a honking component hi-fi? Well, I do. I have like a stereo system that I use for my TV, and if I want to listen to CDs, I play them through my Blu-ray player. But most of the time, if I'm gonna play music in my apartment, I play it on my record player which belonged to my great aunt Arlie. It's a 1975 Sony uh, record player with its own big speakers. Uh, and I find that very satisfying. That's some realness. Just the, like, if I'm going to listen to it, I'm like, I'm going to pay attention to it. Like, even if I have it on just for background music, it's still a little bit more than just, like, putting... Putting my hooking my iPod up to the stereo, and putting it on shuffle or something. 
And, so, and you have records. Mm -hmm. You listen to records. Yeah. Do you find you listen to records more than your iPod? I listen to records. Are you reverting? Yeah, I mean, I listen to records more than I more than I put on CDs, even though I have all my CDs. I tend to think I'm at the point now where I think I look at my CDs as if they are like tiny, tiny little hard drives mm -hmm. that they're my backup if everything else, if I lose all my files or something. You know, they're the thing that right, when it's the end of days, that I'm like, that's the other thing is the like, end of audio days. I'll, like I'll listen to um, music on my phone when I'm walking around or in the train. Or something, but a lot, of, and I'll I'll listen to. Sometimes it'll just be files I have. Sometimes I'll listen to like Spotify or something. Right. Um, but I tend to think of it as like a a backup. I don't think of that as like that's where I keep my music. A couple of years ago, there was a commercial. It was like some like AT&T type like lifestyle commercial of like things you love in life, and it was the first time I'd ever seen. It was you know some kind of. A middle-aged guy holding up like a burned CD, going like, "I love this," you know. Obviously, like I love this set list or whatever oh, right. you know, playlist, and uh, I was like, "That's the first time I've ever seen anybody sort of wax nostalgic for a CD." Mm -hmm. And it, it was—I felt like, well, obviously that's the future. I mean, there's going right. to come a time, you know, ten years from now, when people who grew up with CDs will start collecting CDs like the way people collect records right now. Mm -hmm. I've started doing that. You have. Because so basically, whatever it was two years ago now, I decided I was gonna. I wanted to own every every Bowie recording that wow. was available. And as I went through a lot of a lot of in the David Bowie communities, a lot of the versions that people considered the best were released on CD and only on CD because a lot of some of the early record pressings there was like they didn't release certain stuff so then the CDs ended up being this like weird well he did a deal with uh, Ryko Disc exactly and so all the Ryko Disc gold things are like considered well it sells the same mm -hmm. thing it's like they did big right. like comprehensive wall to wall like all sorts of specialty exactly so I've been finding those but then in the same way that like hunting for rare rare you know, uh, vinyls becomes its own thing. Now there's rare CDs because a lot of those Ryko disc things have been out of print for years. Yeah. And so they get pricey in the same way that like old vinyl records do. You have that Bertolt Breck David Bowie thing, the ball or whatever it's called. I don't ball. have it, but it's, it's um, so basically where I'm at is because the problem is I start doing this, and then when he passed away. Oh, all of a sudden, everybody Suddenly, invaded the space. And then all the prices went up. So I sort right. of took a brief pause right, to let right. things settle again. Um, so I think I ended on... The ball thing is super good. Ziggy might have been the last one that I... I mean, I've obviously listened. I haven't listened to that, but I have newer stuff. But in trying to own the best versions, that's where I stopped that. Interesting. I'm doing the same thing with Oingo Boingo as well. No, you are I'm, not. Boingo Boingo is, it's one of those, it was one of the first, the first time I ever decided I liked music was hearing Boingo Boingo's song on the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. My dad wow. had it on a cassette tape, and I would keep rewinding. I was like, what is this song? And then he was like, well, you look up the band. I looked it up, and then I would, the next time he was going to, you know, the record store that had some tapes or whatever, I was like, I want to get Boingo Boingo, and that was, like think, like, the first tape that I bought was Boingo Boingo. Have, have you, seen, you obviously have seen like the Forbidden Zone. Oh yes, very much. So. I'd say that woman, the woman who sings that, the the you know uh, the 
Like a thief right. with no leg. Whatever that song is. That is such a great song. And it, she wrote it. I know, that whole thing is... She, just... she, and she's an incredibly good actress. She's in, she's in that movie. Ever seen the movie Fat City? No. Great. She's, she, she's somebody who should have been a much bigger... What's her name? T- uh, t- t- I don't the T. But I think that she's only in a couple movies, but she's totally phenomenally. That talented. movie's really interesting. And uh, what's his name? Richard Elfman. That's his brother, right? I, I don't know. What, I don't know what his name is, but he was the. Yeah, he keeps trying to make a sequel. So there's all these bizarre trailers online for like a modern age digital sequel. That's a little strange, but I like that. It's just like perfect crossover of interesting people at interesting time that made this bizarre thing. But Danny Elfman and then Michael Bongo became like one of my childhood spirit animals. Oh, I, w- I was looking at, I was listening to to one of the a couple of the episodes a couple of days ago, and um, that uh, after the season thing after last season, after last season came oh my up. Gosh, did you look and that I was, up? Yeah. Well, what's weird is I saw it years ago. And was and but and it was just like a UFO that was like passing over, and I wasn't. It just it was so dumpy and strange. I just was like, I don't get it. You know, somebody <laughs> somebody had pointed it out, and I was like, I'm not really sure what I'm what supposed to think. Is. And it wasn't it wasn't presented. Well, I mean, there's no context, there, but it wasn't even presented to me with any context. It was like, here's a piece of garbage I found in the trash can. Right. Please mm-hmm. enjoy. You know, it's like you know, my response was like, wow, cool. But obviously, they were had seen the trailer in the movie theater or whatever and had some revelatory experience trying to figure out what it was. But <laughs> I looked up, it up on IMDb, mm-hmm. at, uh, and there's a review of the movie by David Reese. Right. And I was like, is David? Is this what David Reese does in his spare time, is like review like the worst, the weirdest, most obscure movies ever made? You know, that's, I was really surprised to see universe. his name there. And that's the and that's that's not the producers who produced the millions of movies with the same camera angles. That's a different movie. That's like the. That's a different one. That's um, it's a talking cat. Right. Um, right. It's a talking. Which also donkey. sounded which also sounded uh, dev devilish. But I mean, I guess there are people in every medium who are doing that kind of like I'm just going to filibuster. I'm going to make the standard so low. And I'm just gonna. I mean, it's like, it's like flagpole sitting. Like it's cultural flagpole sitting. Like I'm just gonna make this gar- weird garbage and flood the area with my garbage. And what I think it was is that I think he made he got some sort of distribution deal that was like if you can produce X number of films, we'll give you X number of money. So whatever you make outside of that. And then what he did is he produced, I believe it's like ten films at once that all have the same cast, same locations, and then likewise. Four or five, uh, like, like pornographic, like gay pornos, using the same actors, same sets, and so you can find Eric like, Roberts. No, Eric Roberts was like the one outlier that made "It's a Talking Cat" somehow. But if you watch the, the if you watch that movie, it sounds like they cornered him at like his house, right. and had him recorded into an iPhone. In fact, it feels like someone like you can almost hear like the pages turning. You know what I mean, like. It's like clearly the first time he's read this, and it, it sounds like an iPhone or something that he's recording into. But the actors that are in some of these other movies are part of like the gay porn universe, and then the, you, people found online those films that have the exact same sets and some of the same. It's like very, it's a very strange thing. But I have to imagine it was some sort of like 
budget boon in this guy's head to be like, all right, I'm gonna get money from here, here, and here. I'll pull it all, make these things, take off the top, and then just give him whatever. But another too. Oh, sure. I mean, it's a funny idea, just because it. I mean, it seems like. You know, it's the Ed Wood path. You know, I mean, like, yeah. like how many people go down that? And but there are there's a there's there's a band that made the silent recording for Spotify. I was like a. It was like sort of a it was sort of a way to fundraise for themselves. Right. Because they said like they just asked their people who were aware of it to just play it like. Right. While they weren't playing anything else, yeah, just like put it on a loop so they could generate Spotify right. hits, and then. Um, and then there's also this guy, and, and maybe did Chris Gethard talk to this guy who basically recorded his recorded fifty thousand songs on? Yes, he called into Beautiful Anonymous, I think. Which is a podcast I've not caught up with, but sounded that I think I heard that episode, and it was right. like absolutely riveting and bizarre. Yeah, it's a really cool idea. But the guy, you know. I mean, that's some horrible music. I mean, it's just like, it's not even, it's not even, I don't know what it is. You know, it, it, right. it's, it's kind of mind-numbing to me, just as, you know. There's sometimes when I hear music where I actually feel like it makes music worse. Like there's a, there's a program, there's a radio program on that I'm really, it's, it's like a folk radio program. Mm -hmm. And the, the, just the, the, the taste level of the show is so low. And it's just so, it's just so bad, it's so right. bad. I just feel like I'm having my, my brain sucked out of my head. Yeah, did you ever see Best Worst Movie? It's the documentary no. about the making of um, Troll 2, which is like considered one of the worst movies of all time. Oh, that. yes. Um, so there's an interesting moment where like someone at a video store is like, there's something about bad movies. They're like, bad music is bad. Bad books are bad. But bad movies are good somehow. And I don't know what the line is or why it is, but it's like a bad song, like for example, like, um, what's their name? The, uh, the sisters that became the cult, like, um, the... Um, well, is that just it. if movies have like primacy in your consciousness? Maybe. I mean, like, I think if you're a work in a video store, you pretty much are like the front row of the people who care more about movies than maybe they should. Right. But it's like Shuby Taylor. You know Shuby Taylor? No. The human horn? No. I'll send you Shuby Taylor. Okay. He was a guy that went, uh, he's only known in the public sphere because he went on the um, Late Night the Apollo. And he was like, ladies and gentlemen, Shuby Taylor, the human horn. And he comes out and they start playing this song and he starts scatting over it. He was a New York City mailman who, with whatever money he saved up, would get recording time and then record scat over songs. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't just be the instrumental track. It would be like songs that already have. It'd be like somewhere over the rainbow. Oh, and he's just like and he's like blazing Right, right, right. And is it good or bad? Well, it's bad, and it's fun. It's an interesting thing, but I'm not gonna. You know, you listen to five seconds, and you're like, I get it. This is bizarre. And what ended up happening actually is the guy that ran the recording studio that he would come to collected all the tracks and all the raw audio of him like mid-recording because he would like have this crazy personality and then release it again this cult following. The point is that he's like this big cult thing but no one listens to that for fun or no one gathers their friend to all listen to that whole song. Right. But for bad movies you'll people you know 
you know, you'll get, I guess Rocky Horror is not bad, but like you have this whole spectacle about the room and it's like this thing that you just keep wanting to engage with over and over again. I think it depends, like, there are things where you have some things where it's like people enjoy things ironically, but it's also like there's different way, there's different kinds of bad music. Like there's certain kinds that are like, this isn't great, but I like it. Or this is unlistenable. Um, right, but there is, you know what's interesting is that I feel like, I mean, I'm not like a million years older than you guys, but, but I am definitely one of the, the joys of, of, tr- of truly getting old mm-hmm. is that you're, the, the line between pleasure and guilty pleasure culturally Gone. completely falls away. Like you, you really give like zero fucks yeah. about like what anybody thinks is, and it's, it's so, I mean, just being, I mean, you know, I'm a guy, I'm not, I've been in rock bands for like, you know, my whole adult life and yeah. like, and some of my adolescent life. And it's just like, so self-conscious, so like you know, what's what is where's the zeitgeist? What are, where are people what's at? Cool. Like what's cool? And like you know, it's not like I'm in like the coolest band in the world. I mean, we have a very we have a very uh, triangulated notion of what's cool in in what we're doing. But like, but it's not like we were in a void of what coolness was. Right. right. And you know, like to actually, I mean. It is. It's such a magnificent thing to like not, you know, just you know, put on your Lulu album and like go like, isn't this fantastic? And like just not, you know, just turn yeah. it up and not worry that it's like. It's always my advice that I give to. Doesn't fit in, right now. Yeah, I give it the one thing that I've said like to like younger people because I sort of came on, started doing like comedy on the improv scene, and everybody was ten to fifteen years younger than me who was starting it at the same time, and it was right at the point I think. When I started listening to an iPod, I started realizing that like you you kind of can't fool yourself anymore when you start realizing what stuff you're skipping in shuffle mode and what stuff you're lingering on. That you start realizing you're walking down the street and you're the only one who can hear it. That you will skip songs. You're like, I know this is great. I do respect it, but I don't want to hear it right now. And then you're and it was at that point I realized like. When I was a little kid, I listened to like Genesis and uh, like Phil Collins Genesis. Not mm-hmm. I was too young for the like pure math, math rock Genesis, Le- like Invisible Touch, like the stuff in the eighties. Oh, you listen to Phil? Is that Phil Collins? Phil, yeah, yeah. Straight up Phil Collins. Yeah, yeah. Straight Phil Collins Genesis. Yeah. And then when I was, I think, a teenager and in college, but not the art rock Genesis. No, I, I would have been, I would have been become starting to listen to rock music right. at the point where Phil right. was taking over right. and. The idea of the Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel was in it. Was like, oh, that's something that happened before I was aware of it. <laughs> but I would, when I was in high school or college, I think I would be like, listen, to this music isn't it dumb? Kind of, I would listen to it ironically. And then there was a point where I was like, no, maybe it's that you've heard something so much that you just have all these associations with it. But I'm like, I'm skipping over stuff that I know is. Uh, stuff that I'm supposed to like to listen to the song. I'm like, yeah, I just want to hear this song right now. Uh, this this brings up two topics that I really need to talk to you guys about because I feel like you have a unique insight into. Well, what, no, the second topic is just circling back to uh, music, and uh, I just want to talk about I'll tell you about my first person experiences, not with Elvis Costello, the the person, but just like my experience of discovering Elvis Costello, which is uh, I think I've only had a chance to. Sit, talk about it once in a public forum and I, yeah. I and it's never you know people only ask you like 
like what are, what what are, what are you doing? Well, yeah, yeah, like, but they don't want to do like a deep dive, and I feel like. If damn it, if this thing is twelve hours long, we have no cut. I'm good to go. Like if this but, is, if this story lasts, but first, the rest but, of the but, podcast. But first, I, maybe I can, you know, put you now that you've had some food, you can both get put to sleep when I ask you. Um, you know, there was this. There's this thing about the Chris Gethard show, and I feel like it's a, it's a little bit in, in infused in in the way you guys you know work this thing, which is um, there the the um. The, the total extraction of like cruelty and meanness mm-hmm. while still being interested in like humor right yeah seems like a tremendous like next thing idea right yeah and and yet it's sort of antithetical to like just you know and to people in the listening audience who like are going like oh my god they're talking about the art of comedy you know it's like this is like the worst Larry King episode ever none of our listeners um, mind that no. uh, our listeners zero they're deep, listeners deep into deep into the art of comedy if but anyone's I mean, listening to this who has but a I'm problem just, with I'm it just, go away but <laughs> I'm, I'm just very curious as to like if this is something that is this something that's ever discussed yeah yeah and and what is the, what's the what are the, what are, what are the progenitors of like this notion that like it you know I don't even know how you describe it. Like a, just a, a post, like cruel. Post cruelty is a good name. Post cruelty. Uh, I mean, it's but it's antithetical to the idea. Of, I mean, comedy well, in and of itself is sort of like based has a around comedy has meanness. A yeah, like, yeah. If you're laughing and it's, a it's sharp, at somebody is right. being laughed at. So, usually. so how does it? How does it? Work? I mean, first of all, why, how, when? When did it start? Here's why did it start? So we're all aware of the fact that like the idea of like. There's that movement of like nerd is the new cool that sort of happened in the past like uh-huh. ten years. It became frustrating to see people embrace that and then ter- use that as a weapon in the same way that coolness was weaponized for so many years. And so I think comedy. Wep- right, I like weaponized. Yeah, but I think comedy has a similar thing where now a lot more of the voices that are getting attention, or at least the stuff that I'm involved with, are people that sort of came from a background like that. So the last thing they want is to become the cool kids, to become the ones using this thing as a weapon. And when you are weaponizing it, making it very clear and deliberate and knowing that you're doing that. And it's not a perfect, I don't think it's perfect, because I think there's people that will would still be like, well, you guys are the cool kids in this way and this way. Or you guys have weaponized comedy against this thing. Or, But I think there is an element of... <clears throat> So in your every voice can be heard in so. your sphere of of like professional acquaintances, do you feel like there's like a break between like you you obviously cross paths with talented people who are a part of the old school like yeah I'm just doing the mean shit. Does that do they feel do they suddenly feel like old fashioned? Is this like being like a folk rock guy when like Hendrix came on the scene, or is it you know is it suddenly like I my think- your, their deal is outmoded? Well, I think it's for the first time with the internet as it was like people are able to talk back, you know what I mean? You but that most of the time that's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like that 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 fantastic woman from Silent Live who I love so much. Right. I mean that you know Exactly. I mean what's go- I don't even get that's like some kind of like miniature uh gamergate kind of like yeah. black thing. the people the people who are <clears throat> the thing is the people who are go- who are attacking Leslie Jones Leslie Jones. Have, yeah, have nothing to do with comedy. And they're, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to, like, there's no... Well, they're just trolls. They're just right. mean See, but, 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 people. But, yeah, it's just bizarre. Um, so, so, so 
which is such a separate thing. And I think that's why, in 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 part, so shocking because it's these are people who don't know how to contribute anything, and so all they have is this. And I don't know whether it's people that are so damaged that they whether if they were in a different circumstance whether they are beyond help I would tend to think once you get to that point you're kind of beyond help well or, you might also whether be 13 just, years old yeah. I mean uh, yeah, seems, I mean, like, seems like a, a large number of those yeah. people yeah. are not even adults but but, 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 but but if you're that way at 13 there's a good chance if, if you don't if someone doesn't help that kid you end up becoming a 22 year old asshole you know? right I think my thought is more that you're on the dark net right for a while, and it's still true, but you know, being mean, being edgy and whatnot, like that's, that was something you could do without too much backlash because you go on stage and the audience booed you, that was sort of the end of it. Whereas now that is not the end of it. And so if you want to be edgy and say these things, right. you have to stand, you know, Trevor Noah. It has to be of a piece. And Trevor Noah, Trevor Noah, remember we got the show, he was responding to tweets he had made five years earlier. Right. That were, you know, like, not good, but we're also just like, yeah, guy tweeting. But it's like now, yeah, if you want to have that persona, you really have to. You have to it. own it. And you can't. You can't. I feel like so much, and I wonder if you feel the same way. Where um, so much of the idea of being an artist and being a person as separate things is yeah. washed uh, away by the internet. So it's like they are whether you like it or not. Those things are combined. Well, I mean, you have to figure out. I mean, figuring out what your sort of public. Yeah. strategy online is is like a huge you know is really yeah. you know yeah. a, devi- a we super done dividing a well why How, why do you say that separating of just because our our right. one uh, of our big means is a 12 hour podcast where we basically say everything about our lives that uh oh I think you're doing a pretty good job of keeping it all I think we're both because well it's also we're, we got no chemicals Exactly. We got, we, we're, we're, we're playing with we're very safe materials. Here. <laughs> yeah, right. well, the safety right. is the safety is on. Um, I think in terms of like a lot of it is that I think that there's a um, uh, if you go back in comedy, you don't have to go back too far. Like let's just look at American comedy, but like um, if you go back, you don't have to go too back before American comedy is just white guys. Well, uh, but it's also like and you then. Know. Uh, like if you go there's back a, to like there's the like 30s Jewish guys and and yeah. and not and Irish guys and Italian guys, or you'll have something like uh, Amos and Andy, like the radio show and then the TV show, which at the time was this very popular thing. And you'll even read now you'll read comedians of a certain age who'll like talk back to that, who'll reflect back on like growing up with that as like that this was a this was the thing that you heard on the radio that was like very popular. And if you compare the comedy landscape of, like, the 1950s, where, like, uh, I mean, it's weird because you still have people who will ask, like, do profiles on, like, women in comedy as if it's, like, an unusual thing. It's to the point now where, like, anyone asking the question is being irritating because you're asking a question that's already been answered. But I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, like, you know, like, on the horizon in 2016, like, there are all these up-and-coming comedy people who are like crushing it like yeah, you right. go you go on a on a Wednesday night because you know this person is a fantastic comedy force is there anybody within that world who is like just like appallingly inappropriate and 
and cruel and mean, and still people enjoy it, and it, they they will go places because they're funny, or is it like the thing that you have to the 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 code you have to kind of break now is how to be super funny and not be like the hate hate creating like you know even like you know even Amy Schumer is like an interesting right like like Amy Schumer is walking a very peculiar line because obviously she's super funny and just right. being funny makes you justifies everything I mean if you're right. in comedy it's like and yeah it's but, it, laughs, but it but it was funny like, yeah. but it was funny so and and in, in some ways she's as fresh a breeze as she is she's mining a very established right. idea of like you know she's just killing it because she's kill- you know she knows mm-hmm. she knows when to like drop the bomb right and she and she and she does that very skillfully i mean i i think she is yeah. really one of the funniest people around but in some funny some odd way she's actually it's actually very old fashioned yeah i think my the thing that i use as the bellwether for success or not is honesty so i think uh huh okay i think that you can be mean and cruel and but funny if it has as a, long but as it if, comes right, from a place okay. of truth so for example wow. Here's a guy who... Spoken like somebody who doesn't drink. Right, yeah. Um, um, there's a stand-up right now, Tim Dillon, who is amazing and great. and But a lot of the stuff he says is, like, very, very on the edge and very, like, uh, would come off as uh, inflammatory to a lot of, like, the, like, very liberal sort of comedy world but he says it with such a belief and honesty and truth and just admit like admit and stuff like this is what I think mm-hmm. yeah. that despite instances where maybe he crossed the line which I, I can't really think of any but I'm, I, I'll put that caveat out there like everyone is like yeah Tim's just doing his thing and it does have a certain anger and a bite to it that's not normal right now but people are respected because he believes it and he never says it with the intent of being shocking it's just like he has his temperament and the way that he sees the world is in this particular way. But because there's an honesty at the core of it, it's, I think, just as valuable as someone but, that's but, I mean, nice. But is it good for something, something to be honest? I mean, is it important that it be on, people be honest? I and mean, was that, in a, in a weird way, like, you know, you're on a stage, there's a microphone right. in front of you, there's a light on you, there's nothing real about that. You're, you're, you're doing, perso- both of you guys do persona things right. that are like, you know, maybe they're extensions of things that, but it's like, they're put-ons, you know, it's like making, right. making stuff up. So it's like, in the world of making stuff up, why not just make up the most extreme, crazy stuff? I mean, for, you know, as far as I'm concerned, just as like somebody who's involved in like songs, right. the great thing about writing a song is that it's immediately like a world beyond like it's just yeah. like the most unreliable right. narrator filled world of like you know you can be the opposite of who you know you can be right. anything yeah and it's such an open invitation to do to say all the things that you could would never say in a in a, in a normal situation it just gives you every you know platform to be right the, the opposite of who you are. i even feel like the even on stage like you know just as a like sort of the the circus barker of yeah, the the band that I'm in, like it's like, it's almost the, like, I'm I'm I almost feel like it's the opposite of of like, how I'd even want people right. to think of me, right? You know, which is a, such a crazy idea, you know? Like, of course, you know, there are people who find that like, that super, uh, gregarious thing like very appealing. Yeah, I mean, what I could be saying too is also hindsight twenty twenty. You know what I mean? Where it's mm-hmm. like. 
it's easy to look at good things and be like, yeah, but there's an, a negative truth in that, and that's what's that's what's great about it. I mean, it's but maybe that's not the driving some force. Of it, some of it's like picking your. No, t- I think I think it's it's a good litmus test of what works. But I'm, I'm not. I'm, it just seems like sort of it's paradox. Is there something paradoxical about wanting? Want, I really want my fantasy to be real. Is a very strange. Yeah, I mean, but maybe that's a universal thing. Maybe that's us. Like everybody wants the, the fantasy to be real. Yeah, if you like, if you find yourself drawn to a performer in an art form, and then you find out that this guy's a jerk, there is something that crumbles in you because the wish was like, oh well, I liked that. I liked what I was seeing. Uh, and then right. you find out. Then you, then a videotape is leaked, and you realize, oh, this is how this person treats other people. But it, but a, but, a, but I, you yeah. know, but like but but like most people. Most people are jerks. My sort of at some point or another. Yeah. No. Most, most people have bad days. Yeah. But I think that the the shades of color of artifice are a lot broader than the shades of color that exist for truth, in the sense that unless you are like a, a master of whatever your craft is, in order to artificially create a thing from nothing. Would would it's human so would human thing. be a better word than honest? I think humans probably that you present your humanity that somehow well, you, you 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 show you shine your humanity in a direct yeah way and, and sometimes like which is something that like even the most artifice performer like that's the thing that wows people they still see, you know like David Bowie can be doesn't matter how much glitter right. he's wearing there were plenty of people wearing glitter who were not compelling exactly for me it's almost more about the does it have a is it is it convincing does it have the ring of truth as opposed to whether or not it's 100% true that it's like are you conveying something that that is a like when i'm doing I just did a run of, uh, we did uh, an improv show in, in D.C. for three weeks. And we were doing it wow. in, in, uh, in a place called the Woolly Mammoth Theater. And it was in a proper, like, theater as opposed to, like, an uh-huh. improv theater. Uh-huh. So, like, people were paying. It wasn't like a black box, like people sitting in chairs. Like, people were paying, the subscribers to the theater were paying, like, Oosh. regular uh, uh, I hate subscribers. theater, theater t- <laughs> ticket prices. Angry letter to follow. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had, like, a walkout on our first night. Yeah, someone yeah. was like, they didn't like <laughs> Some weird scene that we had done. That well, also they're the first night subscribers. Yeah, yeah. Come the fr- you know, but dazzle me. I noticed that like there would be people who, because we start off and we are interact with the audience a little mm-hmm. bit. Sometimes we give the audience the idea that oh well, we can just interact whenever we want. And right. And I find that on stage, whenever there's any hint of um, heckling or interference or rude behavior from the audience. I tend to get. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. I tend to get unusually aggressive, like aggressive sure. in a way that I well, they're, would, they're, they're, would never be uh, in almost any real life situation where I tend to be like, let's get out of here. I tend to be very like, let's avoid risk any kind of trouble. And I, it's not fake that I'm doing it, but I'm like, oh, I am presenting something, and I have a different energy. But it is still my impulses. But it is like, what is this part of me that is like, it's something about performing that changes who I am a little bit. Well, you've got this heightened level of of focus, and and you're already, your mind is going at like a thousand miles an hour. So it's it's like anybody interrupting that process is going to be a pretty uninvited guest. Yeah. You know. Um, But... The like I tend to think about like 
because a lot of times with improv comedy, you're you're you'll skirt toward things that are could be trouble. It could be like, and you're you don't have the benefit of having like sat down and thought about what's our angle on this, how do we do it. So there's right. always the danger that you're going to go too far with something. And sometimes the audience. Well, that's will that's the. I mean, that's the what's tantalizing about it. But it's all. But what's I think, and maybe this is actually culturally, uh, the influence of of improv over stand up, which it was you know previously, yeah, the sort of uh, default comedy background of everybody writing comedy or create you know. Right. I, th- I feel like the the cooperative thing that happens in improv. I mean, it's, it's so much about. You know, improv is so much more like being in a rock band. Right. You know, I mean, being yeah. in a rock band is like a total, you know, you, you really have to hang together or yeah. it just is not good. It's not know? good if someone's not listening. It's not good. It's just like you just have to work as a unit. Like, it's yeah. just like everybody, you know, it's, it's you really have to tune in to, like, other people. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's very hard to, uh, yeah. But uh, um, I know our time here is limited, so. Um, Let's go. Let's get some. Are we getting desserts? Are we getting desserts? I think that's that's what I was talking about. You guys want to have some cognac? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it's interesting. It's interesting to me that like the the place that you got that you guys and it seems like the Gethard thing is in. I haven't seen the Mike Birbiglia movie actually, which I feel like maybe would inform. The the which is Gethard's Gether, in that movie. yeah yeah so is Connor yeah oh little, you're in I that a little part in that. oh yeah. fantastic yeah um, and uh, I was one of the people he would Mike would invite people over to his house for these like script readings over uh-huh. the course of like the year before they made the movie and you're like it's not mean uh, enough <laughs> the uh, and so that it was like would see the the it uh, sort of evolve as it went along in terms of like figuring out the tone of it and the uh, uh, yeah, I think it definitely captures the moment in terms of like a lot of that. Um, I mean, a lot of the movie, that movie in particular is a lot about uh, certain kinds of envy and like what happens when one of your friends does really well and you're struggling, sort of. Right, right. Uh, it's the arc of that. But like Mike as a performer is a very like. I think it, part of it is it's. Uh, has to do with like figuring out how to use empathy when you're doing comedy. And a lot of it sometimes is like how much, how much are you willing to direct it at yourself, gives you a certain amount of leeway for like, if you show that you're willing to like be honest about your own stuff, it does give you a little bit more opportunity as opposed to just being rat a tat tat at like I got problems with everything else, you know what I mean? Although that's still also a valid kind of thing, but I think that's the thing that's happening at the moment is a lot of like. Even just giving the consideration. So even if you are going to do something that is like on the edge, part of it is like owning it and also knowing why you did it. Mm-hmm. So that it's if it's just bile, if it's just like meanness, that comes across as opposed to like I have a thoughtful point to make about this, and that's why this is funny. You know. I also say that this podcast exists also from a place of personally, I felt like in my own life I was putting forth. I had this desire to put forth an image of myself that was different or heightened than who I really was. And if people would believe that, but it would cause me endless stress because the characteristics that were a part of my professional life weren't really who I was. And then as that gap began to widen, there's this bizarre 
sort of like psychological dissonance that gave me a lot of stress. And I felt like there's so much fake stuff in the world, and a lot of the fake stuff has been really done really well so far <laughs> that it feels like there's almost there's almost more room to now go into the crevices and the details of everyday regular life and show off the sort of banalities. Like so, like in. Um, Do you like some dessert? Go for it. I'm fine right now. Nothing. Okay. We got to have some excuse to stay if we're yeah. going to stay. Um, I'll have the fresh fruit. Okay. Oh. How sophisticated. I'm gonna have the uh, I'll have the key lime pie actually. And Thank you know you. I'll get a I'll get a cup of coffee. Um in Japanese cinema in animation. Don't you like the way this place winds down? I mm-hmm. love this. This feel this feels like something for a movie. If for those of you listening, we're like in a corner corner booth. This table? Booth yeah. table with photos <laughs> all around us and it's like this like... From the 19th century that are real. So a the painting r- of a nun? <laughs> there's a, in the in the bar, which I think at one time was just for men, Right. there's an enormous picture of a very naked lady. Dear God. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's a... Right. And it, this, it turns your head. Would you say this nun is almost rolling her eyes? Yeah. We're like, looking up. I think perhaps looking up to God, but yeah. I read it as, as a twenty-sixth <laughs> as, a, as, as a, a God the oh, side eye. Yeah, I look at that as like that's a almost Schultzian, almost a, like the way Charles Schultz would draw a character. The way they when they say "Oh, good grief!" Right. Yeah, that's the positioning of the eyeballs. But regardless, we're sitting here in the steakhouse, and the lunch is sort of winded down, and so we're also seated in like an L shape, as you would if there was like a camera on the other side. Yes. Yeah. Like how a director would want you to do it. So it feels very much like something from a movie where we're having some sort of devious or like <laughs> plot-changing moment in a film. I feel like it's just you know so we can see everyone as they enter the scene. It's yeah. a very it's mafia like the, kind of yeah. Thing. It's the you know the power chair. Yes. Yeah, no one behind us. Yeah, we're safe. But I'm saying in, so in Japanese cinema, I forget what the term is, but it refers to the moment between the moments. So that's why like mm. if you look at like Kurosawa and a lot of these great like. Ozu and all these, it's like about these moments that happen between the moments of life and those are what's most interesting and that's where like even haiku and stuff like that it centers around these ideas I feel like to me that's the territory that I'm excited about in, in art and things like that is yeah a lot of the fake stuff the big stuff the big <laughs> rocks have been done before and they've been done great but now it's the small stuff that can relate more individually to people specifically and that's why this podcast too is this thing of like Let's just see what happens if we just show all of the humanity and vulnerability and just let it get to the point where so much time goes by where you forget that you're recording a thing. Well, it is. I mean, it's almost like a... I mean, but it, in a way, it's more like a Warhol movie than... Yeah. Like, I mean, not that it's an endurance test because it doesn't really require a tremendous amount of endurance. Right, right. I mean, it's just really just sort of what the manic fun of chatting for a really, really long time. Do you yeah. feel like... How many, how many episodes of it have you listened to? I've listened... I think I've listened to all of them, but I haven't... But, you know, I mean, I... I you so know, you, sometimes you, I listen to it like, while I'm falling asleep. If right. I'm taking a nap, I'll just leave it on. Do you feel like you right. have spent a lot of time with us already? Oh, absolutely. Do you, feel, do, you feel, do you feel very comfortable when we walked in and started talking? Yeah, Like I you already it. had a rapport. I was super nervous just because I wanted to fit in. You know, I mean, this is like, you know, most of the things that I... I think we were super nervous. Most of the things that I do, I've done a lot. 
So like I'm right. really and yeah. so even if like you're not necessarily like good at it when you start, like if you do it a lot, you get better. You feel like right. I know how good this can get. I know how this is going to go. Right. I feel very, very comfortable in like situations that peop other people would automatically, you know, I can play uh, music in front of 20,000 people and, and like not be nervous at all. Yeah. Right. And in fact, I feel like I know exactly what I want to do and, and I can, you know, I can control the whole right. situation, which is a very weird thing to be used to. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally, I think, yeah. I, you know, that's not something you should like, be used to. I'd, I'd be nervous to go to a party. But I would not yeah. be nervous to get up and make up comedy in front of yeah. people with no preparation. It wouldn't make me nervous at all. But I would be nervous if it was like, do you want to go to this party? I'd be like, oh, I don't. Yeah, so I mean, I think social anxiety is like a completely different yeah. thing than like performing. Yeah. There's an interesting thing, though, because you having listened to the episodes, it's almost like without being able to crack the, the actual mechanics of time travel, there's an element of it that emotionally it's kind of almost similar to time travel in that like you go back in time and you meet someone that you've already does that make sense right so like for example what's similar to that is like i'm sure i wonder if you've said this exact same thing cuz i'm sure you get it a lot is where when you create stuff i feel like i would spend a lot of time going like well people come up and talk to you and you're like well you don't Thank you. you don't really know me you know the work that i create which is a right. version of oh me. exactly but with this podcast kind of talk about how it's interesting <laughs> where it's like right I sort of say, well, you do sort of know me. It's just I don't know you, but you do sort of know me. Again, it's probably 70%, but... But it's more than a lot of people that you actually be like, yeah, he knows me. Like, I had friends like that don't like listening to this because they learn stuff about me that they haven't learned in our real-life friendship. Doesn't that seem inevitable, though? I mean... But it seems weird to them where they're like, ah, oh, man, I wish I could have learned that just... Not as a listener. Not as a listener, but as a... Well, also, I mean, there's also this strange thing where, well, but you guys are pretty good about this. I mean, I, I don't, I don't like gossip. I right. love gossip. Right. And yeah. it would be very hard for me to imagine, like, living in, you know, uh, tr trying to, you know, have a, a natural conversation with a friend of mine right. where it didn't diverge into... Right, right. I know this. I I know I'm sounding like a meanie. No, but but, I know it, but exactly it's just, what you're but saying. it's just like you know it's like that's you know part of like you it's know fun to talk like, about what's humans, up yeah. what's up with them yeah. right and it's like and um, I I don't feel like you 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 guys kind of dance around it when it happens because you ha because you're more thoughtful than sure. than me but um but I, I feel like it would be. I know other people have like long format podcasts who've gotten into like tremendous trouble, like talking yeah, candidly want. about peep other people in their lives, which is like something like as somebody who you know I kind of as somebody who came up in the pre-internet world. Right. This is like you know I'm all for I love the oversharing idea. I think mm -hmm. that's fantastic. But right. when it actually comes down to like really knowing how I feel about X. Right. I really like. I really need to pull it off the, the band, highway. The band X. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's with the unison singing? <laughs> That's so magical. Um, I've just they've been like doing their reunion tour and they've been doing all sorts of media. I've heard, I've heard like three interviews with X in the past month, and uh, and <laughs> How did he... and inevitably the reviewers like your harmonies are so amazing. And the thing is that's interesting to me. I mean, I you know I like X OK. I really love uh, uh, the, the the Americana thing that they did, but um, the 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 credit knitters the knitters, but um, like 
they they're not harm they don't sing in harmony when they're singing they're just I like singing. how we tr- I triggered the exact thing you were talking about I think right what when you were like you were doing a blind on him and then by making that joke I actually got you just to say <laughs> say something mean about something <laughs> you were like like you, you guys yeah, do a pretty good job right, and the moment we say actually what's the deal with that <laughs> well that's to, what I'm saying I'm uniquely unqualified to be in this format you have to try that through skip okay um, here's something I think is interesting about this conversation right now. Is that you were saying how it's not weird. But but I didn't say I was nice. You guys are nice. But also we're already, there's also that slight element, and maybe this will go away over time, but we always feel like once we're a few hours into the, isn't that one of the best pieces of fruit you've ever had in your life? It's like peach. Yeah. Or pear. But even just, I I would never cut a pear into those kind of pieces, and it's it's maybe the most, it may be the most satisfying way to eat it. Yeah. Like, this is the shape that this fruit should be eaten at. Here's what I think is interesting about this, is that you're like, I've listened to your guys' podcast, so there's a weird element of us sitting down, you being like, oh, how's the lady coat? And then it's like, it's and you know what Oh, yeah. right, right, right. But there's also something interesting, maybe for Connor, but for me, is that I've also heard your voice my entire life as well. Mm-hmm. So right. we're both coming at this meeting from different sides of having this past engagement with each other without ever it's actually having a conversation. Mind almost like we're from two different realities that, you know what I mean? That right. That are... That now, intersect in this beautiful steakhouse. Now, we... we so also feel, feel, feel weird because we've talked about your band on the podcast before, long before we had inter- interaction with you. I remember that. Yeah. Did that feel weird that. when that happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was literally, like, sort of falling asleep. Because I listen to podcasts like, yeah, right. I mean, a lot of times I'll listen to podcasts like as I'm about to take a nap. Mm-hmm. Like I sort of have, what is that thing where the people have like split days? They live, they have, like they take a really long siesta in the middle of the day. Oh yes, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Like, uh, I'll like sleep, I'll go to bed at like you know midnight or one, get up at like six or seven, and then work until three, I still- and then kind of crash from like three to five or something like that, and then. When we were first doing the episodes of this, I was doing that a lot because I worked at Barnes & Noble Union Square from like 7.30 until 3, and then I had comedy stuff at night, so I would have to go home and sleep for like two, three hours at least. Right, sure, sure. I'd just be like... Disco nap. Yeah. Yeah. You old disco nap. Uh, Wait, we did in-store at Barnes & Noble, maybe it was before your time. I was not often there for the events because... No, it it definitely was during my time because... um, I worked there from 2002 until 2015. And what did people say? Uh, Those guys are dicks. No, uh, I was just I was, I was just rarely I was just rarely around. I mean, on occasion, we probably you, are dicks. I think you. I mean, the, just just because like whatever you know, you do a, you're humans doing, are dicks. You're yeah. doing a production, you know. I mean, imagine like yeah. the, the the you know any production you're doing, like you know you you come stomping in with all sorts of crazy demands, and people think you're crazy. The I was rarely there for the events because the events were at night, and I worked from morning until right. that. So right, the couple of events that happened during the day, there was a day when you two came. Um, I bet to the store. Nice guys. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I, somewhere I have a comic that I drew about my day with you two because it was almost, I, I regret that this didn't happen because it almost was a much better story than it is because for some unexplained reason, somebody thought that I should be the one to operate the freight elevator to bring you two up. And I had no, I had never operated the freight elevator. It was one of those where you have to, <laughs> you turn it on and it. And like a horse elevator kind of thing? Yeah, like an old, old elevator that's like manual everything. And did you, was there a rehearsal? 
No, because it, it wasn't a performance. It was just a signing, and it was they closed the store for the U2 fan club. Oh, wow. And it was when they came up with that big U2 book. Uh, and I... They said, Connor, you, can you work the elevator? And I didn't want to tell them. And I was prepared to get stuck in the elevator with you. Like, I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. Because I didn't want to... You should have stopped it in the middle and go like, okay, guys. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to volunteer that I didn't know how because I was like, then they won't let me do it. They'll get someone else. Right. And they ended up getting someone else anyway. But then my job was... I was supposed to guard a door where they were going to be coming through to make sure no one came back to where they were entering from. And so I stood there, and you two came up off the freight elevator, and they walked through, and the first thing I was struck by is that Bono looked to me like one of my uncles, because my mom's from Arklow, from Wicklow uh -huh, County. Uh -huh. All my family is in Ireland. And... He just he could That's a very Irish response. He, but he didn't look he's like just I'm like used my to uncle. I'm used to seeing he's just my uncle. I'm used to seeing Bono and thinking he's a certain height. I'm used to seeing him kind of like pump the like camera. Photoshopped and yeah. quaffed. And he right. had the same sunglasses, but up close I was like he was like he walked through and he was like signed some books and he just kind of like uh, and as he walked through, I remember just thinking, like, oh, it could be my Uncle Michael or my Uncle Leon. Like, it was just, like, another, like, older Irish guy who was a little right. short. And then I was left waiting. I was, they were supposed to leave the same way. And I stood there for, I think, an hour longer than I was supposed to because nobody told me that U2 had already left. So my whole U2 experience was just guarding a door. And I guess I was supposed to make sure that no crazy fan, like, came through this way that they were going to be traveling. But they were led out a different way. They went. They left a different way, and nobody told me. And so I stood for at least an hour while they were breaking everything down, thinking like, "Well, I guess you two is going to come." Extremely dutiful of you. Yeah. Um, I interacted with you two, and the two other people, which I probably talked about in the podcast, that I interacted with were Gary Trudeau and wow, Robert it. Crumb. Robert Crumb used to go to um, uh, that place across from uh, Bowery, uh, uh, not the Bowery Ballroom, uh, the. Katz's. He was always in Katz's. Oh yeah, and it's like it was like such a hilarious. He'd be there with his daughter, right. and uh, and he looks just like Robert Crumb. Like he looks like a Robert Crumb cartoon, yeah. right? You know, he's completely like hunched, like hunched shouldered. Yeah, and I like by saying I interact with him, I got to spend like over an hour in like a room, a room just with me and them and them signing books. Right, right. And I was assigned to talk to them because. That the the people who did it were looking to get out of an hour of awkward small talk with someone they knew nothing about. Right. And I could talk to them about comics that they liked and their work with enthusiasm. Right. Uh, and they were both like, they were like the kind of thing that I would, I would enter any contest to win this type of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like if I thought like it's what you imagine you would wish to happen is like oh I'll meet them. They like Gary Trudeau was exactly what I thought and I wanted him to be. He was like sharp, smart, funny, very seemed very decent. Mm -hmm. Like he just seemed like, but like smart enough to know how to be like an effective satirist. Uh, and he had interesting opinions about everything. Uh, interesting. Crum was. Very, I, I would imagine he could be super bitter. He was very funny, very sardonic. Uh, but also, the store had also, um, there was a woman who worked there who was one of like the assistant managers who dressed very burlesque. 
Like she had a very burlesque way of dressing. Oh, she, all the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, like as much as you could sort of get away with and still be like working in a bookstore, chain right. bookstore. Right. Oh, I forgot to wear pants. <laughs> We're just like I wear these tights and like a skirt right. that's like right. this. And they made the store made a point of making sure that she was also there and she was almost presented to Crum as if it was like I was sort of brought in like here's oh, a nerd man, who can talk about like Carl right. Barks Donald Duck comics from the nineteen fifties with you. Full body. And yeah. but then oh, there was like, man. oh and here's this other person. He was very like, oh well <laughs> he was very kind of like exactly like what you would imagine. I mean Robert Crum is a man who's been since becoming a celebrity, a famous cartoonist and documentary subject presented with women to give him piggyback rides at, like, right, public events. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've... Yeah. Um, but I, you were probably at Barnes & Union Square, I would imagine, to... Was it for one of the kids' albums? I'm not sure. And it, we, we would always... We've always done... We've done New York in-stores whenever yeah. it is available. I think us. I re- would have remembered that it would have been one of those, is my memory of it. But uh, frequently, I would... Uh, be like, oh, cool, this person's coming, but then on any given work day, I'd be like so exhausted and know that I have like stuff right. later at the night right. that I, was, right. I would be like, well, this would involve me going home and then coming back in or else killing like four hours. Right, for right. Or split shift. Split shift, yeah. Um, I, want, I, I, I want to tell you, just as one person who loves Elvis Costello to another, right. I want to tell you, I just want to do a deep dive. Let's do it. And a little bit of time traveling into my teenage years as a new waver punk rocker yeah. child. Um, every, when I think back on this, everything about it seems like I feel like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, George Burns talking about the 20s or something. It seems so far away right. to me. Like it just seems like not just like a lifetime away, it seems like a century away because it's so pre internet and everything cultural, all things cultural. Were sent like via smoke signal, right. you know, momentary scenes in like that were left unedited on television that you go like, what was that? But like, I went to, I went to England and and Wales in my uh, junior year between junior year and senior year of high school mm-hmm. uh, on a like a scholarship from my school. That I had sort of bluffed my way into. I had figured out that, like, basically the only people who applied for the scholarship were like girls who had studied French. Yeah. And they would just go like, "I want to." I had seen the sixty minutes episode where they talked about the Sex Pistols. Yeah. And I in the spring of nineteen seventy seven, so the Sex Pistols were brand new. Like they were like that month. They were out that month. Yeah. And it was a and when it, when it hit the United States, like people who read Cream magazine, people who followed Le- Lester Bangs. Like my my friend Jimmy Mack, who was like very much into like an early early p- proponent of punk rock. Yeah. Um, like all those people flipped out because it was like the Sex Pistols were like exploding this thing that had only been like subcultural, and they were d- suddenly very very public, and and it was like very real. Yeah. And so I was like, I've got to get to Eng- I've got to see the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Like I was just decided like I've you know this is like what I'm going to do. With That's my- like a. Uh- First act of a movie. Yeah, so like I've, I've you know I've got to get to London and see the, and figure out how to see the Sex Pistols. So the they they were getting one of these scholarships. I was a terrible student. I was like I was I was basically on academic probation for most of my junior year. I didn't really like particularly finish in my senior year. I ended up working in a record store, but like uh, I was absent 156 days of my senior year of high school. What? Wow. And um, 
And that's um, insane. Yeah. Well, I, was, I had a full-time job. I didn't. I didn't live in the town. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Did, you want to get in on this? Oh no, I was just wrestling with it. Oh, oh, oh. You just rest, resting oh, with your fork. That wasn't meant. As, I realized oh, it looked yeah, yeah, entirely yeah. like I thought I, you were aiming. I made a gesture <laughs> that I really, but I just thought I'm resting. I'm holding a fork. I'm gonna have some fruit in a minute. <laughs> right. I will try a little bit. Yeah, but that wasn't the intent. Um, so I want everyone to know that that was not the intent. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, so so I, I, had, I sort of had just gotten this sort of mania about doing that. Yeah. And I found out about this uh, this scholarship program. And I just thought, I was like, you know, if you can get sent to France just because you speak French, like, I can figure out a way to get to him. I'll just... Yeah. And I went, and, and the key component was that the judges of the thing, to make them independent, they, they uh, the people doing the judges, judging, didn't see your academic records, and they didn't know you. They, they came from a, a, another community in the suburbs. So it was right. like a blind It was like a blind, a blind council of people would decide on your thing. And I went in, and, I was, and, and th- this, 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 my riff was something like, um, you know, people have always said that, like, you know, the UK's, like, economic problems are, like, you know, half a generation ahead of the United States, and, like, you know, went from industrialization until now. And I just feel like England is having such tough economic times right now that Americans should really understand and assess what's going on, the situation that's going on there. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Jaws hit the floor. They're like, this kid, like, the, you know, the most money we can give him to get, get him to, to London. So I completely bluffed my way This job there. will save us. Yeah, yeah. And He's the they, one. They thought they were really doing something good for this yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I was like, all right, it done. And so then I spend like... Uh, you know, a couple of very, very long weeks in Wales. But I'm reading all the music papers, and, like, the Sex Pistols have been banned from performing. But, you know, meanwhile, like, all the first wave of punk rock is happening in London. Like, yeah. you know, like, you know, uh, like, uh, uh, what, what's, what, X-Ray Specs, like, Oh, Bondage Up Yours is, like, you know, like, I right. bought that record, like, in a record store. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, wait, 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 no, no. Not that, not no. I no. I, I don't know. No, I didn't buy it there. I didn't buy it there. Um, but uh, but the weird thing is, everything was so new that you might like. I saw Elvis Costello's name in the paper, mm-hmm. and I was like, I bet that's good. Yeah. Which, as an idea to me now, like the idea of seeing like seeing a band or buying a record just because it has an interesting name. Right. Is completely impossible. Like there was no, there's, I haven't, I don't remember the last. Like, I, maybe that never happened again. You almost, in order to experience something like that, that's, you almost have that's to. That's how I found your band. Are you kidding? No, that you're, you're oh. the first CD I ever bought. Oh wow. Well, see that. Well, this brings up a, a sidebar issue, which is I've never known whether our name was a good name for a band. I've always actually wondered if it actually was kind of a bad name. But I, but Elvis Costello is probably a terrible. I mean, if you think about it in the long term, right? It, it's a he, terrible name for he wasn't, uh, an act. If he hadn't, but the Beatles is a terrible. Right. Name. Yeah. Almost every. It's like this with. Uh, this is a conversation that in in the UCB improv. In any improv community, it happens with like team names. Oh right, right. And it's right. like any name is good or bad, depending on how good the actual. Like right, there probably exactly. are some that are damaging. Uh, there probably are some names that are objectively like, well, you would have done better with a better name. But it's like the idea of 
trying to be a musician with the name yeah. Elvis. Right. Elvis, Elvis, was Elvis was alive. Elvis was alive. I saw when I saw Elvis play. Elvis was al Elvis Presley was still alive. He died like on right. when I was coming back yeah. from that trip. Uh, right. And it could have been ruinous. It could have been the type of thing that it was like morbid. Yeah. But I think I think it was you know right. because I think well. But there were probably dozens of other less. Artistically successful acts that had provocative names that we just don't remember that had like similarly like clever or cute kind of names. Well, you're, it sounds like you're say, you're on in favor of Elvis Costello as a name. In, re, in the fullness of time, I wouldn't say that I like Elvis Costello as a name. I think I probably would say it's like not a very good name. It's very Jake, uh, very uh, Jake Riviera. Yeah, I think. It's very like you know who's kind of like you know has this sort of Trumpian when I, like, vibe when, about right. when I got in when I got into when I first heard Costello was with Veronica with it was Spike era and at that point it still to me was like attention getting because I'm like oh he looks like Buddy Holly but he has this other name that's kind of like a, a hybrid of of other like to me it was like oh it's like Elvis Presley meets Abbott and Costello it felt to me like that was what the mishmash was uh, yeah sort of like a Frankenstein yeah monster. interesting that yeah. was I remember I think the back cover of his first album is very much rocking the like he's Frankenstein yeah you know he's um, he's rock he's a rock and roll Frankenstein but which I think, is a pretty effective but I think right. given the like knowing that Jake Riviera is going to be Google searching this is is uh, making <laughs> my head scramble. Um, I didn't mean to, I, that's not a fair characteristic. What I meant was that he's like more like more like P.T. Barnum. Right. He has, which well, he is came more, up with to be name, more yeah. to be more specific. It's a very P.T. Barnum idea. Like it's a real get him in here. Yeah. And it sort and it right. totally got me hooked. And like the so the first thing I did was uh, I went into a record store where there were still listening booths, mm -hmm. which seemed, I mean. It was only in England that they saw listening booths. They didn't right. have listening booths in the United States anymore. Yeah. It seemed archaic then. Right. But like in now, it seems insane. And I actually said, like, I just want to listen to this record. And I took my little cassette recorder and I recorded the, the single that had come out the week I was in London of The Angels Want to Wear My Red Shoes. And like the recording I have, there are people talking at the very beginning of it. And then, like the Neil hits record, and it's still like kind of coming up to speed. It's like, Wah! and and I listened to this thing like fifty trillion times. Do you still have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the cassette somewhere. Oh. I didn't throw it away, that's for sure. You should, but you should get that transferred and re release. But that. but like you know, it's just like any any kids that. recording that you have. That you yeah. listen like you. It's like baked into the recording is all this stuff. I want my because my noticing Costello was eighty nine, but I wasn't a fan until. Uh, my friend Jeff Falzone loaned me the Juliet Letters the day it came out. Wow, was that just, was your entrance. That was my entrance, that was your point. entrance into the weird. And then I went over to his house the next day and I said, I want to hear all the other records. Because I knew it was enough different than. All I knew about Castell before then was Spike. I was aware of Veronica, that, that single. I'd seen him on SNL. And then a few years later, Jeff had made me aware of when he grew the big beard for my Like a Rose. And I was like, that's insane. Right. Like it's been two years and he looks like completely different. Like that was an insane transformation. And then, so I was aware like he did this, that Juliet Letters was not his normal type of music. So I was right. like, give me everything. And I transferred everything onto cassettes, but in all the wrong order. Like I, if I had 10 minutes at the end of a cassette, I would just start the next record and get a couple songs in. So I had these like, I had no wow. sense of the chronology. But my 
the but my, you, you went headlong into it. Yeah, everything. Like I was, was like, like, I got to catch up. Because I think the second thing I listened to was like Punch the Clock. I'm like, this sounds nothing like that. And I was just like, I had no sense of. And what an odd record. Yeah, and but my like taping it off the thing was when Brutal Youth came out. There was a local radio station that was very like Costello friendly, and they got the record about a month early. So they were, and they had a, a DJ from Manchester who would play named Simon. Who would play Costello stuff all the time? Of course they did. And this was it's in college Colum- radio, Columbia, right. Missouri. Was where this was. Oh wait, you mean uh, uh, M- M- uh, what is it? U- University of Missouri, Columbia. Yeah, I've been there. Where I saw uh, yeah. you guys at the Blue Note. Yeah, um, I've been to that radio station though. KBA. Yeah. No, no, not KBA. Uh, KBXR. KBXR. There's one. That's probably the one. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the actual physical space of it, but it's probably changed by now. It's in like just like a weird little office. I'm in the also conflating it with suburbs. Bloomington, Indiana's college radio station, which is like a crazy shack. Right, but but, but no, I would, it was quite a time. Those are but I spent a month stations. trying to catch the record, basically, uh-huh. and I got I think ten or eleven of the fifteen songs just by always being. I would I would not maybe. See, I think Brutal Youth would be a perfect place to get into the core. Yeah. Because it's every kind of thing. Well, it's also, I mean, it's like, it's his, it's his like, er thing. You know, yeah. It's his original recipe thing. It, it has all the... Doled up it has perfectly, the, probably for the last time. Yeah, it's the, it's the, it has all the energy of the early stuff, but with everything he learned kind of thrown into the mix a little. You know what I love about that brutal youth record is he plays the guitar on it. Yeah. And he's such a, he's, he's such a great guitar player. And he's also, for me... I mean, he's so raw, it's so raw, like, and it's... It's also one of the last records that he really goes all in with self-harmonies. Uh-huh. And to me, that was the thing I loved about his singing was that he really knew how to, like, for someone who didn't necessarily have that kind of uh, what people would think is, like, that's a good singing voice. Like, he had right. a weird voice, but he really knew how to harmonize with himself in a way that, to me, when, he, when there's, like, five of him singing and it's, like, tight harmonies, on that record, I think it's, like, him... Because after that, he kind of starts belting a lot and doing a lot of, like, just just his voice alone. Right. And to me, I, like, miss that sweetening of, like, when he knew how to sing sort of less well, he knew how to dress it up uh, with those harmonies that, to me, that really makes his voice pop. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I can hear now why people find, find his voice super strange and mm-hmm. very uh, get-it-off-me. But but to me it was all it's actually the, the it was more like the 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 awkward the the awkward puns right. that really I, I really you know I'm I'm sure you know yeah. this is not something that anybody needs to hear coming from me but like um but but I just I just I just wanted so I, just so run, you're in the listening booth so I'm listening in the listening booth hear the song he's playing at the Nashville Room three days later making his performance debut with the attractions. I saw Elvis Costello's first public performance. Wow! Like he had never cool. he had never done a show before. He had done a, he evidently, according to like Wikipedia or whatever, he did a warm up show the night before unannounced mm-hmm. uh, because it was he was with the, he had hired the attractions. He made the first album with Huey Lewis and the News' backup band. Yeah. But then the attractions come along, and they're just like ringer guys from London, like they're just ace guys who went to. A, Big long auditions, tons of people auditioned to be in the attractions, and they were like, "No, no, 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 yes, no, 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 yes." And you know, there's like funny stories like Bruce Thomas 
got an advanced copy of the record and learned every song on it, and then but came into the audition and said he had not heard any songs. He, but he just like play along. Right. So it's like you, you're like you know this guy picks. He's up like quick. yeah, this guy's got some magical stuff, you know. Yeah. Meanwhile, like he had basically memorized everything in advance. But um, was that Nashville Rooms? Is that the one? The that Nashville got Room released? is. I don't know if it's available. Maybe it's a bootleg. It's no, I think it got released as like a bonus disc. That Nash, there's something of him in seventy. Would that be seventy seven? Seventy seven. It was. The, it was rooms. like July of 1977, and um, that's pretty. Crazy. And and it was it was, it, for me, it was a complete, like life changing show. Like I mean, first of all, there only the place held like pr- less than two hundred people, and I, I was the kind of person who got there first, counted every how many people were in the room. And, you know, I always sat in the front right. row. I was always just, I was that guy. I mean, I was 17 years old. I was just mm-hmm. like, you know, I had nothing, nothing but time. Right. And um, it was so singular as a performance because he had never really performed with, like, a great band behind him. Mm-hmm. And this is like, you know, th- it was a complete, did I just say this? It was a complete Star is Born, like, just bizarre. You know, everyone mm-hmm. in the room was just yeah, gobsmacked. And... Um, it was, there, there were so many crazy things about it. Like, um, I mean, first of all, he was wearing, he was 22, right? So he's only five years older than me. But I remember he was wearing a wedding ring. And to me, like, that just seemed like worlds away. Like, yeah. nobody, right. like, this is an era where, like, you know, people just, like, live with their girlfriends, man. And everything's like mm-hmm. the Eagles in California, you know, Southern yeah. California. Like, it just was not a world where people got married right. that young, and it seemed like such a, it wasn't just, you know, he was obviously young, but it seemed like this preternaturally old thing to right. be. Yeah. And it just made him seem like he was just coming from a completely different planet than anybody else. And then, um, and then he, you know, and you he, were hearing all these songs basically for, for the first time. time. And, and, so what, and, and his performance was this really split thing because during the songs, he would be as like, like angry and like sort of, Bile filled as you can imagine, like any punk rock performance could be. Like it was super hard. Yeah. And then, you know, people would applaud like crazy, and he would just take it in in this sort of like, "You guys like this? That's that's awesome." You know, like he seemed right. very, really, honestly appreciative. Yeah. In this way that like, you are only open to at your first show. Right. I mean, it was really, it was really sweet to witness. And then uh, Bruce Thomas broke a bass string, which is something that, in the history of my life, has never happened to me. On after like you know two thousand shows, I've never yeah. I've never seen anybody break a, a bass string on stage. Right. But he managed to break a string, and so Elvis was called upon to do a song by himself while he changed the bass string. Yeah, because there was no road crew or anything. It was just like time to change right. string. But the band couldn't didn't he didn't want to be accompanied. So he, I, and this is totally, you know, if it's on a bootleg and I'm wrong, I, I apologize in advance for people who are searching. But um, I believe he played Party Girl, the song Party Girl, which is like from three albums later. And so like this whole thing was like laying down these weird things for me wow. as somebody like, you know, I was because then when I heard that song, because it's sort of like Allison as a song, like, like yeah. if, if you're going to put out Allison, you're not going to put out Party Girl because they're both really yeah. bittersweet ballad these songs. Both recorded by Linda Rotstadt. <laughs> well, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. And um, so so it was in, it was a totally magnificent show and, you know, I didn't even play, I didn't sing or play the guitar. It, n- none of that was in my life. Yeah. And then, like, when I, you know, when I got home, I was just like, 
I got to get in on. It was like Amnesty Day for wannabe wow. people. And then, and then, like three months later, I think I saw him at UMass mm-hmm. in in uh, Amherst, mm-hmm. and he did a concert, and I brought all my friends, and it was the complete alt. It was the Saturday Night Live super pissed off Elvis Costello, right? Like you know, super like, and he just did a very dis- sh- very short, Fast set. very sh- disappointing kind of Ramon style. I mean, not, not I mean, the Ramon's length right. show. Like it was just you know probably twenty five minutes long. And everyone was, and then they played the songs like ended, twice the tempo. Yeah, yeah, and then it ended, and everyone was like, "What the fuck is that?" Because they're all still, everybody's still, you know, listening to Hotel California. Like, there's yeah. now nobody in the room that is like up to speed Thank you. in right. Amherst, Massachusetts, with like the ways of new wave. Like, this was this yeah. is this was an idea that had just been born. So, yeah. you know, and then I had to explain to my all my friends how much better the show in London was. Yeah, that's amazing. It was fun. That's so cool. No, no, we're good. Um, yeah, I remember. Kind of give me two seconds. I just want to check something. Sure. There, you're good. Thank you so much for. Oh, of yeah, course. Thank you for this. Well, congratulations on your twelfth episode. Thank you. But what's up with only two a year? This year has just been Guys, hard come to on, schedule. Come on, I haven't been. I keep being on different shows and things like that. And well, what other shows are you producing? <clears throat> producing a show called, show called My Brother, My Brother and Me, based on the podcast. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, do you listen to oh, that? Oh, no. I, I mean, I know, I'm familiar with the show. I don't listen to it all the time. Oh, I thought you were saying you were listening to it in your email. Yeah, well, I... I'd, I'd write back and do a change. First. Maybe I had well, just... Well, I don't need, I don't need a change. Okay, thanks. I was a, I'd nice. been listening to it, thanks. and I thought you might get a kick out of it, because it's very... Similar to what we were emailing about, how do how you we use podcasts? How do you? So you're just shooting it as a TV show? Yeah, so it's a TV show for CISO. And so how do you make? How do you uh, wrangle that into a thing? Well, that's what we're trying to figure that's out. That's like not yeah. just like suddenly just doesn't become like a regular show. Yeah, so it's we're try, I'm trying to make a show where sort of anything can happen, where it can sort of because what they're so good at is improvising and building on. I don't know if you've listened to any of it, but it's like they can build on these brothers that grew up together and they have this comedy rapport that's sort of been built from scratch and so I want to create a show where they can basically improvise and build on top of it but it can be out in the world it's wow really, it's really a thing that like getting the permissions on that sounds impossible well we're shooting in their hometown and we're getting a lot it's I think it'll work it's going to be a fun experiment but it's the kind of thing where they've got such a devoted listenership that it was like and is it going to be edited down is it going to be yeah. 24 minutes long or? yeah it's a digital platform so it can be however long it needs to be but Are you going to make it crazy long? Oh, See, it seems like it I seems had, like if it's going to be videoed, idea. it's going to take that much longer for them to get off the runway. Well, they're very right? good at. Uh, oh, they get off their, their self um, self marinating. Yeah, they're good. They're good at finding what they. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. We have. I think every episode has like a basic. We've sort of thought out basic ideas of stuff, and then we're going to sort of fill it in. And the whole city of Huntington, where they're from, has been wide open to us. Um, but they're so, so funny. Huntington? Huntington, West Virginia. Wow. Yeah. So we're trying to get all those folks involved. And then I just did a Netflix special. They got their show. Then me and Colin Quinn do a show called Cop Show. Um, and then trying to make some movies. That's make some movies? Thing. That's the next thing, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But so it's been a balance of all these things. I feel like there's never... I'm always like, oh, good, I have three weeks off. And then suddenly it's like, 
Actually, I'm going to do this thing instead. And that they're all projects. I don't feel like I don't think I ever have the luxury of doing anything that's like punch the clock, get paid kind of thing. It's all like feels like passion projects to me where I just sort of like have to dive in shoulder deep and be like, yes, we'll make this work. I promise we'll figure it out. Not that enough money, great. not enough time, but we're going to try to do something big. Well, I would imagine in that world, there's probably not that many good producers. I mean, that's a good spot to be in, right? I mean, no, it's nice. I mean, my reputation's become like, oh, there's an idea that's everyone thinks isn't possible. What do you think, J.D.? And I'm like, but now, J.D., do you have a way. reputation for being uh, affordable where other people are not? Because that is a tough reputation to get rid of. Uh, I can tell you as you enter the, uh, the world of show business. Luckily, my agency has made sure that is not, the, that is not a growing trend in my life. Right. Because, I mean, I think the thing about the Gethard show is that because the production values are so wonky right. that, like, you know... There's something sort of, you know, you know, cheerful's great, but like cheap and cheerful can be sort of like the exactly. the and piece of paper on your heel that you can't get off. Exactly. And you can't go back to that creative well too many times because there's only there's only right. there's only a certain number of ways to cut corners until you're just making circles over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and that was a worry for you for a while like a couple of years ago that like getting the reputation is like well, we can get JD to do this, right? Because he'll figure out how to make it for look great for less. But then, at a certain point, that becomes uh, yeah, uh, yeah, taking advantage of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like I've had, I've been in the mix for enough yeah. high-profile, big-budget stuff where that's not. Yeah, your reputation but maybe for you the quality take, of the work. Maybe you is, should is, take a job on that's like that's like a beauty job. Well, like you know, some perfume ad kind of thing. Yeah. I had that opportunity, and I turned that down for a... Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Because uh, it was another passion project thing that uh-huh, I wanted to do. Uh-huh. It, wasn't, it just wasn't interesting enough. No, and it was just the kind of thing where I'm like, I feel this way where I've had... This is going to sound melodramatic, but I feel like I've had enough... I've gotten to see firsthand in a way that's been a bummer, but been you know, part of life to see that life is very short, and you never really know how much time you have or what when something's going to happen or not happen, that any second that I spend working on something that I that my heart's not in, if there's an opportunity to work on something that my heart is in, I'm right. always going to take that right, right. in a way that, yeah, it was probably is probably prohibitive in the long run because it's like I could the steps that I'm stepping up could be much bigger steps if I wanted to, but I get fascinated by the, the things that yeah. really creatively get me going in a way that I'm happy to make those decisions, but it definitely well, you've got, you've got representation. That's like the that's the best. That's yeah. the makes that's the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, they can pull their hair out sometimes, and I'm like, no, I'd like to do this small yeah. thing instead. And they're like, yeah. but this other thing, and I'm like, yeah, but this small well, thing I'm could an be artiste. cool. Exactly. But it's all champagne problems, you know, because it's like I'm still working, and it's not like I'm exactly I make enough money to live for sure. So I don't know. I like doing the small stuff. I like doing the stuff where it feels like everyone's like, if we can just make this cool. We can just do the thing that no one's done done before, and even if it falls apart, there's something cool. And you know, in the same way that we talk about like these movies or things like that that like are failures, it's like there's something admirable about going for something big and even if it falling apart. Yeah. That being the same people who look back and be like, yeah, but they tried to do this insane thing. Like, look at this. You know, there's so many TV shows I look back on that like they got one season and they man did they shoot the moon. 
and it did not work. But I will always remember that thing because they tried to do this ridiculous thing. Or movies, th same thing. Yeah. Do you ever see the doc about, or at least read about Hodorowski's Dune? No, no. So Hodorowski had the first. <clears throat> he bought the rights to Dune or had the rights to Dune before anyone else. Oh did. wow! Before his, the movie Dune, the oh, other, yeah, in his version, the of big Dune, budget. Uh, Pink Floyd and uh, Magma were going to do the score together for course, different of course, planets. Of course they were. Mick Jagger was going to play the villain. Hodorowsky's son was going to play the lead. Um, and then he found these uh, graphic, uh, these like illustrator, graphic artist, comic book guys that, had, that he thought were really interesting. And he had them spend like just like a year just like drawing stuff for him. And that was H.R. Geiger and who the other one was and then he created this tome that was just like several thousand page bible of the universe and it had nothing to do with the books Dune he just he read it and was like I get the gist of it but I think this is more interesting and they created what was and who do you give that document to well that's the thing is they started giving around and at the time <laughs> the budget was like a hundred million which at the time is like what year impossible. was this impossible yeah I actually even, don't even know what year it was it was probably right after Star Wars. Holy Mountain and El Topo. Well, that's the thing, is it was before all of that because there's rumors and speculation in the uh, you know, historical film world that this Bible that he made actually became, because the movie never got made, but it was handed around everything, right, right. that actually became the blueprints for modern science fiction. And like all the stuff that H.R. Geiger created for sure. Alien, all the stuff, and all that stuff came from these insane ideas that Harovsky had, and then other directors and studios were like, We'll take this. Like, there's these images that, like, certain characters from Star Wars look very similar to images from Hodorowsky's thing, and images from the well, Alien I feel movies. Like and this the, I think there's actually some Hollywood thing now. It's probably, you know, an, an annual website or some annual list on a website somewhere. But there was this thing where um, I remember years before being not not years, but like you know, five years before being John Malkovich came out hearing about the idea of being John Malkovich. Right, the, and the blacklist, like all those like screenplays that are like... Uh, oh, the, is that what it's called? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and, it's basically, and basically, you know, everyone who read the Being John Malkovich, evidently, like, the script itself was just this incredibly right. bizarre and compelling read. And everyone was like, this would be an incredible movie. I mean, nobody's ever going to make this movie, but right. this would be an incredible movie to make. And so it had this very curious reputation of just being, you know, and it, it makes sense to just in a Hollywood way, just because Hollywood is such a collabo. You know, you really have to have like five very powerful people all agreeing to say like, let's all go in this direction to get anything done. Yeah. I mean, as much as everybody is like, oh, it's all about this one person. You know, you know, one person gets shoved forward in the in the press junket, but it's but it's never that. It's exactly. never that. It's never that at all. I mean. You know, there's always way big, important people saying yes or no or go or stop. And, and like, when you think about something like being John Malkovich, I mean, it's, like, it's such a totally badass film. But I could see how you would read the script and think, like, I mean, even just the title is impossible. Yeah. That also, wasn't it not originally John Malkovich? It was oh, no, I think it was. I think they were talking about doing it. I don't know. There, I don't know. Some, there, there may have been speculation that maybe we could do it with someone else. There's or something. talk about it changing who it was going to be at some point. If there's a version <clears> script for someone else, that was very close. I wonder how far along they were when they approached John Malkovich. Yeah. It, also, you know, it's so perfect. It's so perfect for him. It's hard to even think of it being anybody else. I think maybe the story was that 
whoever, whatever agency was like, John Monkovich is not going to do this. We have to think of other people. And they like got pretty far with someone else. And then John Monkovich heard that this thing existed and was right. like, yeah, I'll do this. And they're like, really? Yeah. And they're like, he was like, yeah, of course I'll do this. Right. But it's sort of like, awesome. I mean, why would, I mean, why wouldn't he? I mean, I it's incredibly good. I think there's that thing sometimes with weird stuff that people will like it, but they'll, they'll feel like, well, in another world, maybe this could exist, but surely not in our world. And it, right. and it takes right. someone being like, no, let's make it happen in this world. Well, yeah, it sort of reminds you, like, you know, stinking thinking. I, I heard, but then again, also, like, you know, I feel like actors are sort of a strange risk taking. There has to be some element of risk taking yeah. in being an actor because you, you're really never, ever in, in a way, you know, for something that's an artistic enterprise, like, I can't imagine the frustration of being. You know, you do a whole movie and like the movie sucks, but even though you were good, yeah, like you can't you can't pull it out. Of- well, I get ma- I get very angry when I uh, whenever I watch a movie and there's like a very often I will and I don't want, I don't want to name this movie because I we do try to avoid just commenting on it, but like there was a movie that came out this year and I watched a performance in it by an actor who I think is a good actor. And there was a moment in the movie that was just, like, horrifically bad acting. And as an actor, I watched it, and I thought, the director of this film let this guy down. Right, right. Because what I, was, what I didn't feel like I was watching, like, a bad, indulgent actor. I felt like I was watching, like, they should have protected him. He was doing this, thinking maybe this will work. Right. Trying it. And they owed him... That not including this take in the movie. Now maybe it was the best of many takes, but even then I was like, cut the take, like it's going way too long. And right. it was just like it was like you're. But I think most people. Watch Do you think it, like the editor or the director was seeing something in it that that was just wasn't there, or well, was it, I don't know. Or it was like a temple scene that had to be there for like. It definitely was not like it definitely was a scene that could have ended. Or there was a contract that said the movie had to be eighty-five minutes long. No, there was not. It couldn't have been any of those. But it's, um, it's not. It's not. Uh, here comes the kitten or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, 90 minutes. It has to be. But it was one of those things where I feel like a lot of times people, a, a general audience will watch that and just be like, oh, that actor's terrible. But I as an actor will watch it and be like, this is a betrayal right. of that he, actor's he really trust. Got, he he got tried it. his best and they should have, even if they had no other takes of this scene, they should have just cut the scene rather than hum- include this I don't, like, know, I don't know if you've ever listened to the Mark Marin podcast, but there's an yeah. interview with... Um, What's the name of the guy who was in? Uh, uh, he was in a comedy that uh, Get Hard. He's a comic. He's a he's an actor, legit actor, but he's also he's the sidekick in uh, the uh, the the movie um, the sort of uh, dra- uh, what do you call what do you NASCAR movie with Will John C Riley John C Riley There's yeah, a, gr- yeah. a really interesting interview with John C Riley like we, on the Mark Maron podcast. Uh, you really come. You really realize that, first of all, he's a completely private person. Like, he just yeah. never does interviews. Like, he, I don't know if they just, like, I can't imagine being the characters that he is and not being put on the press junket. But it seems like maybe if he's on a press junket, he's just in, like, sort of clown mode. Right. And just yeah. goes, like, yeah, we had a great time. It was super fun. Like, wah, wah. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, having, hearing him actually talk about his experiences, he's, like, super, he was super candid and obviously also just puts him, finds himself in, Really, like weird situations where, like, in the middle of the experience, he realizes he's actually made a mistake. Right. You know, wh- like which must be a really sinking 
feeling. Like making a mistake by agreeing to be. Yeah, in the movie. yeah. Like he's done projects yeah. that he didn't like the way. Like he thought he, was, he thought the script was interesting, but the way the director took it he was, was totally. About, what was the one that he was in that was? He's very forthcoming in a way that like is yeah. almost seems like uh, underinformed in the you know I mean we're on a twelve hour I know we're all right. watching we'll, our. I'm still reeling from the thing I said about X. We, we like to naively think, we said this before, that once you get this deep into the podcast... Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> the problem is that's we're not, not that deep. That's not true. Oh, is that right? That's true. We're not that deep. No, we're only two and a half hours deep. But, but like, you're still long. Oh, oh still, you, yeah. you know, like uh, uh, Burt Reynolds. Oh, another, speaking of, uh, I think this is also in the Mark Maron thing. Burt Reynolds, evidently, according to uh, the director of Boogie Nights, right. didn't didn't really trust that that, that Boogie Nights was right. going to be like a legit he was like this seems kind of like sleazy right which is a lot coming from Burt Reynolds have you ever worked on something that you thought was going to be not good and then ended up being a positive thing oh that's interesting aside from the Gethard show uh, well the Gethard th- the Gethard thing is it's what's weird about it I felt like that performance was super gr- fun and yeah. I love the setup of it I've done like three shows in my life where, no, I've done two dozen shows in my life where I'm actually standing in the audience, right? Which is just a profoundly like fun and weird way to do a show. Like it just it it blew my it kind of blew my mind a little bit, like in a good way. That's great. It was so much fun. Like I know that you can't do shows where people are standing right next to you, right? Like they need to they need to figure out how you people can see you, right? But that was just that was just crazy fun. That's great. I was witness. But. I was I was I think maybe the solitary witness to a moment uh, during the taping of that Gavin show where I believe you plugged in and played along with the LLC with the house. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And the uh, I was just because I was it was during one of the breaks and so everyone was focused on what was happening in the other area and you came in and plugged in and you jammed along with them and I was and I was just standing in their corner I I saw it but they. I was the one who told them later. I said, "You know, uh, <laughs> you, did, did you know?" And they were—they all of them thought that they heard something. Right, it was in their in ear. It was in yeah, their monitors. But they right. all were like, "It's coming through their monitors." They all were like thinking, "Who else?" Is, like they were right. What's happening? Yeah. What's that horrible sound? So, but they were delighted when they found out after the fact that they had, they had this secret jam with you. Well, it was a, you know, it was a very. I, I enjoyed your uh, your your between show crowd work. Thank you. Truly inspired. You should have a sort of band, man. Well, let's see. Yeah, where's the where's the Connor band? That would be incredibly powerful. Me and Mike Yerg put out a couple of EPs in the past year. That's the start of something. We're supposed to maybe perform for Rolling Stone later this in September. Right. Really? Uh, perform my anti-summer songs. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but uh, I like the energy of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to steal some of those ideas. I was saying. You'd had an experience that um, was yeah. negative that ended negative up being positive. I have had some. I've had. I've had every kind of experience. You know, like I, you know, I'm trying to think of the ones that. Turn, I've had things that took a lot of work and turned out shitty. Um, Do you remember what the thing was that John C. Riley was talking about? Where yeah, it was the movie with the uh, what are the name the Mumblecore um, Brothers. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Which is also surprising because you think like those guys are probably pretty great. And that movie wasn't. But I think it was. I think it was really about temperament. I mean, I think it was yeah. like you know his skill set 
and their skill set just do not like that. Whatever that Venn right. diagram is, is, does not overlap in a in a constructive way. Yeah, exactly. Also, also I believe he's in Thin Red Line. I think maybe has maybe no dialogue in it. At a point where he would he'd been in enough movies that right. I knew who he was, and that it was weird to see that. Right. What like he was cut out of the movie? Yeah, because I think that was a movie where when they, it was announced who the actors were in the process of making it, it became a different, like it was announced as an Adrian Brody movie and he has almost nothing in it and it became a Jim Caviezel movie mm -hmm. and it sort of just changed in the making of it. But it's weird to see John C. Riley just walking through the jungle with a bunch of, as if he's like just part of the platoon but with no real right in the movie. Oh, wow. Just so it's just like... drafted into... Right, the, right. Who's the get, the, get the, get the key grip in the costume. Yeah. Like it could have been any on any face, as opposed to someone that you're like, well, they got him. Surely he's going to say something. Right. He may have had lines of dialogue, but I remember mostly just saying like, oh, he's just there mostly. I I I have an answer. I'm, okay. I've, I've been scanning my my shame files, um, and it's some some of it is uh, distracting to me. But um, one thing I've, I've talked about this on stage, so I'm sure it's like it has some life in the world of gossipy rock things. But um, we did a bunch of songs for the movie Coraline, which I have to say, like, I think the movie Coraline is fantastic. I think Henry Selleck is, like, super talented. He's obviously, you know, everyone yeah. who has ever worked with him knows he's a super talented guy. But it was a very, it was a very strange experience because 80% of what we did was on the cutting room floor because they basically, they brought us in at the very beginning of the, of the process. Right. And the whole movie had a different shape. I mean, they they weren't even, they didn't know the look of the movie. They didn't right. know it, you know. And I would have thought, you know, a lot of times when you do music for stuff, you're brought in at the, at the end, right. which which seems like a terrible place to be, uh, because so many huge decisions have already been made. You kind of have to fit right. fit to fill in a way. Like you've got to like you've got to find the thing that it already is and right. just complement it. Which seems like you know you're really a servant to the project. Which like you know musicians don't tend to be good at stuff like that. Right. I feel like actually we're pretty good at that because we actually listen to people when they say like, we want to have this kind of energy or that kind of energy. Like yeah. we can do a lot of different kinds of things. The thing that was frustrating about the Coraline thing is that it was like such a, you know, I think we so wanted it to work, you know, and, right. um, you know, like the things that, the only things that are in the movie that exist of ours, I think shine really brightly. But like, you know, there was this whole opening sequence to the movie that was going to be just like, that was going to be our thing. Right. And, you know, to have that just, like, float away kind of kind of killed me. It's like, so interesting because I was going to bring up Coraline before as an example of, I think there's something really special. There's certain movies and things like that where there's things where, like, even if the whole thing isn't amazing, there's movies or things that one aspect of it is really perfect and great. Mm -hmm. And Coraline, I think, is one of those. Um well, I, I just, you know, I, I'm just sad that, you know, the, the four other things that we did right. were talked in. Because your guys' music in that I, is really good, but there's not that much of it. I, I think it's like, you know, we're literally in the movie for 60 seconds. I don't right. Think it's like, I, I don't think there's anything more. But I I don't, think, I'm not sure, actually. I, I, don't, I don't, never scanned it. I think that movie is the best use of stereoscopic visuals. For as, as oh yeah 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 that's yeah. been done. Well, I think that's I mean that you know that and, garden and it, scene is one of the most beautiful yeah. scenes in 3D that's been put to 3D. Dude, was that the I scene? could have been in there. I know. There was a lot of interesting like the, the whole process of of uh, the production 
design of that thing went through some really crazy evolutions. There were some there were some times where it seemed like it was going to be. I, I mean, you know, this you know obviously Coraline is a successful movie. Like nobody right. people think of it as like a very artistically and, and commercially successful movie, but like it there there was a moment in its production where it was like a full like. Uh, you know, decimal point stranger. Right. And I can't, I, there's part of me that's really still excited about the idea that it could have been what it was. Yeah. Right. Because it was, it was definitely, it was definitely less commercial. Not that it's like a, not that it's a it's, commercial thing, but it's like, you know, it's like a production. It's like a, it's a fancy it's like a movie. legend. Yeah. It's did, a fancy did movie. Did Selick do James and the Giant Peach yes. as well? Yes. Yeah, so that was Andy, Andy Partridge was supposed to do the song. Yes. I think he had a very parallel experience. Yeah. Henry Selleck is so interesting. One of my favorite things about animators, especially animators that have such a like an oeuvre that you can like look at and see all the pieces of, is that the way that their characters move is right. usually how they move because they oh, when yeah. they began animating. So yeah, like yeah. Henry Selleck, I'm the first and only time that I met him, I remember just like not taking in the conversation because I thought it was so interesting because the way he stands is like one of his characters and his like limbs move and like yes, such he's the a way very elegant he, like, guy. He, his joints bend it just the right way and like what's his name um, Wallace and Gromit uh, oh uh, yeah um, not Artman Art, yeah um, what's his name but like if you see interviews with him like he'll get excited and go like, like oh really make that <laughs> gesture just yeah. naturally he'll be like, it was very the, good and I'm like yeah that's what, why your characters do that is because you right, do that right right that's a funny idea have you ever heard of the thief and the cobbler uh uh-uh. uh it's, they're getting ready to show, I think, a work print of it. And I think it's the weekend of Noah Foreman's wedding. Okay. And and Richard Williams is going to be at, I think, MoMA, I think, where it's right. shown. Uh, uh, it's either MoMA or MoMA, I don't know where. Uh, one of those places. That's cool. Uh, but Richard Williams was the guy who did the animation for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, wow. And Weird. He was hired for that because his reputation prior to that, he'd won an Oscar for, he did a, um, an animated Christmas Carol that won an Oscar for Best Animated Short. He was sort of this legend in animation circles as like this guy who was a genius at animation. And during his whole career, he was working on one movie called The Thief and the Cobbler. And there's a documentary Oh, God. And he was self-financing it. And it was all being done by hand and there were there were and I first learned about it from a cousin of mine who worked for Don but is it re, is it real or is it like Orson Welles last film or like or like no, uh like the Magnificent Amberson yeah, yeah or, no no it's like uh to, to the 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 wind the chimes at midnight no he no. never came it was it just was released it's oh. just being shown now I can't remember the name of it it's I something think. the wind inherit the wind maybe I don't know uh I think I should have known that my my cousin worked for Don Bluth. No, Don Bluth Animation, like the company that had done like uh, The Secret of Nim and American Tale and all those sort of. Oh wow! Well, yeah, yeah. And so I heard about it from him before I heard about it from anyone. Anyway, he, he was like in animation circles. This thing was talked about with like such reverence that it's like one guy. But did it exist as a thing? Was it like it it, it's like there were, there were tapes were, of it being pa- passed around? Yeah, he got who from Roger Rabbit because Spielberg saw him Oh, right, 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 okay. But literally, right. like, if you think about what it takes to make an anime, anime movie, and he was making it with, like, himself and, a, and like, animators would be hired and they would work for a year on, like, one shot because he wasn't doing, like, cells that you lay down over a painted background and then you just animate those things. He was animating every aspect of every frame. 
So wow. Was, Although that could be like maybe I mean speaking of like the get it off me effect, I mean that could right. be a real like way too much. You can you can yeah. look up footage of it online, and there is something about it that you can see like oh this is a genius animator, but this even if this had been completed as it was supposed to, it might never have been a great movie because it may have just been great animation in the same way that like a, yeah a, right. A virtuoso a guitar player might play every note possible, and it might not sound. Like, you mean like, like all virtuosos guitar players? Yeah. Hey, let, yeah. let's push this out. I'm, yeah. I can't remember where my legs are. Um, but basically, oh. he got to the point where he was close to finishing it, and he signed a deal to finish the financing of it. And he had to be done by a certain point. No, you, you can't end that way. Well, the basically, he got to a point where the money people were like. Uh, okay, the film is due, and he said, "I just need a little more." And they said, "Fuck you, we own it." And Miramax ended up releasing a version of it that included uh, most of, all of the original animation, but they re-edited it and had another company real quick add in some other scenes. They added in songs. That's the saddest story I've ever heard. They took a character that was supposed to be a pantomime character, and they hired Jonathan Winters to ad-lib dialogue over this character just riffing and because it was right in the aftermath of Aladdin so it was very much oh Jonathan let's let's get that's uh, not cool and I mean to him it was probably just like oh it's it's another another voiceover session but he might not have necessarily known that this was like a 20 year tragedy that he was participating in the ending of but they're showing a work print of this film in September in New York and and that guy Richard Williams who I didn't even know he was still alive he's like showing up to talk about this. To shake his fist at the screen? But it must be like to work on something for your whole life and then, I mean, I don't, part of me thinks maybe he never would have finished it and this was like... Yeah, I'm sure sure that the people on the, you know, the production people must have felt that it was never going to end. That it was the... It was clearly never going to, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have taken it away from him really... I mean, to if, take that to long know, to make one yeah. film anyway, it's already unheard of. But I would think that if you if you started the production on your own dime, that it would be very hard to lose control yes. at the on the other end of it. I mean, that's the one good part of making your own productions. Uh, John, if we're talking about animated things, can I ask you about a project that has always remained in my memory? What's that? The Tiny Toons Adventures. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Music videos of your guys' songs. Yeah, we had nothing to do with that. We were literally in a van, and they called us and said, like, Steven Spielberg, this is the exact way it was pitched to us. Steven Spielberg is starting Tiny Toons again. He's starting is starting Looney Tunes, Tunes again. And, um, and they want to use a couple of your songs. They'll give you more money than you've made all last year. W- will you give them permission? And we were like, that's the easiest yes in the world. Right. But we thought it would be Bugs Bunny. So and they just like animated the story of your songs. Yeah, yeah, it was great Hollywood style. Very much so. You're really tall. Yeah, you're taller than you are on the pod <laughs> recordings. I'm taller in person than I am. Yeah, yeah. Happy walk out. All right, good to see you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have a bag.
It's just a, oh yeah, right, the tag number. I don't know, that's, oh, that's, there you go. Yeah. Uh, where did I put the? It's two bags? Yeah, it's down, it's those things down there. Okay. I'm trying to figure out where the, uh, the tag is. There's my floss. I don't know where. Uh, it's fine. Um, I'll be back here soon. I can promise you that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'll share something with you now, which is that. Um... Oh no, it's raining. Oh, no. What? Oh yeah. Anyhow, where are you guys going? We're probably going to go over to the. Uh, I gotta find get, somewhere to sit and talk. I got to get to the in. six. Where's that? It's that way. It's this way. We'll walk into that way. Yeah. Um, let me show you before we get too deep in the rain. I'll show you. Um, my oh. birthday is on Saturday. Oh. And happy birthday to you. Thank you. And today is Elvis Costello's birthday. Uh huh. And I tweeted a thing about his birthday. And then I got this that Elvis Costello liked my tweet. He couldn't. Uh, and the last person, and I think this is fun. I think he should have given you a retweet. The last person that <laughs> whose tweet he liked was Keith Richards a month ago. So really? I thought that's a pretty fun. So uh, the only two tweets he's liked in a month are, are Keith, Keith Richards, Richards and you. Uh, and he he liked that while you guys were probably talking about him. No, it happened before, right before I. <laughs> uh, sorry. But I saved it. I okay. That's fascinating. Do you, now, do you think that I don't? I, I don't mean to get too granular on the because it is a thrilling, just in the abstract. But yeah, uh, do you think he does his own social media? I think so. He must. He doesn't if he, do if, enough of it, right? For right. There to be, if there was an intern, they'd just be going like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. If someone's doing it, they're not doing a good job. Right. But yeah. then again, maybe there there are people who aren't doing it, good jobs. It could be that it's someone else, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. That wouldn't bother me too much either. Uh, like if I if I believe for three hours that he personally did it, and then I found it, I'd be like, "Well, it was a fun three hours, but it wasn't life changing." Oh wait! Either. Oh wait! Wait! You know what? You know what's funny is that I I'm like the blind man holding the elephant's tail when it comes to social media. Like I don't I don't even know how to look up what somebody has liked. Some a third party has liked on your page on your Twitter page. It'll show your tweets, and then uh, there's a thing that says media, and there's a thing that says likes, and you can see what. And you can go into somebody else's. Yeah. Oh. Now, in 1995. I think for like the first three months I was on Twitter, I just liked like tweets I had made. <laughs> you can like your own tweet. I, yeah, you can like you your can own like tweet. You can like your own tweet, but then other people so very can also awkward. See, people can also see that you like your own. Yo, know, I didn't. I, I didn't know how it worked. <laughs> Were you just trying uh, to sort of add fuel to the fire, just get it no, going? No, no, I didn't. I didn't really get what. Priming it, the pump. I, I actually, yeah. I, I was just didn't understand how what it meant. Yeah, I'm like that with. Um, when we were doing the, the, the show... I thought something might happen when right. you clicked like. When we were doing the show in Washington, D.C., there was a day where they wanted us, the cast of the show, to take over UCB Comedy's Snapchat account. Oh, God. I, that's the point where I realized, like, oh, this is where I get off the train. Yeah. I... That is a cluster I fest. I could not make heads or tails of what any button did, and every time I clicked... There's not that many, 
Nope. But it feels like you get it. It, it felt like getting behind the wheel of a car, and instead of a steering wheel, right. there was a fruit salad. Right. right. And I was just like, well, what do I do? Like, if I eat a grape, does the car go? Like, I just didn't know. Snapchat is the one thing I've tried. I've tr- I tried to figure it out, but somebody was explaining to me that they've made Snapchat hard enough to operate that you either have, you basically have to be shown how to do it. Yeah. So, and there is no manual to do it. Right. And it's to keep the olds out. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's working. Yeah, it's definitely kept my. That kept my 55-year-old ass out of it. In 1995, I'm in Missouri, and from afar... 56. Uh, <laughs> from afar, I was monitoring the fact they got you that They Might Be Giants was opening for Costello at the Beacon Theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a, uh, I had a cutout of an ad the ad for that week of shows because I was so jealous that people in New York were getting to go oh, oh, see, before, oh, yeah, yeah. see you opening because to me I was just like that's a perfect evening and it felt it was very satisfying to I mean we were so flattered to get invited I mean it's it's a it's a weird thing opening is such a weird yeah you really have to be emotionally prepared wait is it one more yeah yeah. Uh, or is it straight down? Where I can't remember. Uh, it's one more. One more. Um, yeah. Because it's, because it's the beacon, basically, they load the room in. Like, the opener just... JD. You start playing as the doors open. Yeah. So, like, you basically watch 2,000 people get to their seats while you're playing. Yeah. Which, uh... It was a lot easier to take the second night than the first. Yeah. Although I think, like, my guess would be that for... To me, it struck me as such a perfect... Um, ma- uh, such a perfect matchup that there would be so much... It's nice when there's enough over overlap that the people who are coming for the main show, a lot of them will be... Would have gone to a, a show just starring the warm-up act. I guess so. I guess so. Because I mean, sometimes it's not the a, case. Pro- you know, I, I think, you know, the thing about Elvis Costello in test, New York City test, is that test. he's got a very different audience in New York than almost anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and it's really test a lot JD. of the, uh, you know, a lot of the pump-it-up crowd. Yeah. You know, it's like there are a lot of people, New Yorkers who listen to, that was like the last gas with WNEW as a hit-making rock radio machine. Yeah. And uh, consequently, like, it's almost a nostalgia thing to, like, that the, the sort of hard rockin' but uh, the, Elvis. Those shows that you were playing were specifically advertised as we are... Elvis Costello and the Attractions are trying out new songs for their next album. Right. Right, so which they were. They were. It was definitely like a, um, you know, kind of. A I had tapes. I had take it or leave it. Kind I of had show. tapes of those shows that in the back of. Remember Goldmine? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were ads in the back of Goldmine where remember you could Goldmine? send. Goldmine's still. You is know. it still around? Oh yeah, I think so. As a news, as a physical thing. I would think so. Uh, Why I, would that ever change? I feel like it would the become people, a website. People, it would become like Craigslist. The people read it by vinyl records. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Where is the seven from here? Where is the six from here? Uh, I believe we're still one avenue away. If really? I'm correct. Yeah. yeah. But isn't it nice to go through all this construction? This is real New York. 33, so, 33rd and Park. This actually, as, as a 12-hour podcast listener, yeah. there is something very satisfying when you guys take it on the road. Yes. Yeah. It's stressful for me, which is why I think sometimes we don't. Yeah, no, there's, uh, there's a lot of realness. And like, I feel like we're about to get ourselves killed. But um, Like back there for a block... Connor's mic went out. Oh no! Oh, no. So I just swapped the batteries. Were you just whispering in what he was saying? Yeah, I was just—I cool. was trying to. I'll have to go back and post and try to bring it up. Do you actually actually have try to massage it? A little bit. I was going to say, seems like a lot of effort. It is. Twelve hours. <laughs> a classic. Um. That's why sometimes we'll record it and it won't come out for like a month later. Right, right. Maybe it's just just go like totally raw, you know, verte. Yeah. Just when you get to the end of the, you know, hit, hit, save as. Exactly. Done. Uh, there was an ad in the back of Goldmine, and it was this guy named Kevin, who had a P.O. box in New York, who taped all the shows that happened in New York City. Oh, right, right, right. And you'd literally get cassette tapes in the mail of the shows that he went to. And they were not they were not great quality, but to a kid living in Missouri, uh, it was like, oh I I can't believe that there's this man named Kevin yeah. in New York that I send him like seven bucks or ten bucks or whatever and I get a tape of a show that I couldn't possibly attend. It's exciting to me, like when people are such fans of their, of like that kind of experience. Yeah. That they actually dedicate the time to like, you know, preserving it, bootlegging it, you know, being a completist about. I mean, I'm sure he's, you know, I just recently inherited from a longtime fan, like a, a just like a set of. 120 They Might Be Giants bootleg cassettes. Ooh. And it was totally weird. I mean, I've, I have a cassette recorder, and I, I don't know who it was. It was just, it was, on, it like showed up on some, you know, somewhere on the web, and someone in my management, our management company's office uh, saw it, and was like, they're just, you know, they just want to find a They Might Be Giants fan. Why don't we get this? Uh-huh. Right. And, uh, I mean, there's some powerful, there's, you know, there's some good stuff. There's some, like, there's some radio stuff that actually sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, it's very daunting to look at. Yeah. It's just like, wow. I've been trying to find, my dad took me to David Bowie reality tour as a birthday gift years ago. I've been trying to find the recording of that one show. Well, that's like he was sort of between deals then, right? Exactly. So it's it's only bootleg stuff really right. exists. But there, that's. There, do you ever see read that Dangerous Minds uh, website? It's a very good website called Dangerous Minds. It's very fixated on David Bowie. Okay. And as they pointed out, like um, you could probably discover a brand new, unseen, really great David Bowie video every day for the rest of your life. Right. Like there's so much crazy stuff that 
he did that's never been. Yeah. But I think he actually picked well. If you're going to be a completist about somebody, yeah, there's like actually a lot. I think David Bowie's there's more discovery in that with Elvis Costello. A lot of his great sidebar stuff was very documented in his time. Like you know, yeah. taking liberties, right. which is you know, taking liberties is just a great thing from top to bottom. Like it, yeah. just, it just seems like a great. Record. Feels like a regular album, but it's but it, I mean that was you know he, there was a lot of love in his rarities. Yeah, with Bowie, I think there's a lot of just like let's try this. Ah, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and well, it's also like I think Costello is aware that when he has a rare thing, that it's like I'll release this. It's good. Right. Where some artists, you get the sense that they don't know or or don't care about whether or not. It's Everything hard to gets released. Anybody think, not thinking like Hoover Factory is good though. Yeah. Right. But like, there's Dylan songs that are come out on those bootleg series things that you're like, what? why did this not make it onto the album? Yeah. I don't know. I was I was listening to a Kinks album. I was listening to a song by the Kinks that was in a in one of those uh, what's his face movies. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson movie. It was uh, this time tomorrow. This time and I was tomorrow, like, yeah. How come that was never single? Like that could have been a, such a hit. And you realize, like, on that album, Lola's on that album. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like it wasn't a hit because people are singing Lola. Yeah. Oh my god. Smelly bus. I something I think is funny about this podcast too is that people have said that people that don't live in New York feel like they get the full New York experience. Because as we walk walk down the street, we are like, oh god, there's, yeah, yeah. Well, there are things about New York that are profoundly disgusting, and summertime really brings out the uh, the full. Everything gets heated up. Yeah, the full 3D experience. Yeah, every gross thing gets cooked in the summer here. Yeah, look at this dog. These yeah, these dogs are. (laughs) (laughs) Get the visual on those. Uh, fellas, oh. I think it's time for me to retire my lavalier mic and yes. return to the land of people, regular people. Oh, it's holding on. It's like a Pixar movie, the oh, way that God. those headphones are holding on to that microphone. What can I say? It's a dream come true. It's been a pleasure. It's, it's been a real pleasure. treat. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for Same. lunch, too. How many more hours you got? Till like 2 a.m.? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, because yeah, we started late. Where are you going to be at 2 a.m.? He's got a show at 11. Yeah. I'll probably so make you're some... doing a show? Uh, yeah. Is that going to be in the show? Uh, I'll probably... Which show? Uh, it's The Stepfathers, which is the um, my Friday night improv group at UCB, is in a thing called Cage Match, where we'll do a set and another improv team will do a set and the audience will vote. And uh, if we win, win, we have to do next week. <laughs> I, oh, I get it. So it's like Live at the Apollo. Yeah. Yeah, to me, Stepfathers is like uh, a very elaborate version of like, I'm sure there's a German word describing it, like a thing with a fake, a, like a, a fake name for a thing that you know nothing about. Like when you see all of the movie All About Eve and they're like, oh, the, my next play will be Aged in Wood. Right. It's just a title. It's just like a, you know, you, don't have, <laughs> you have no idea what it is except it's a title. Yes. I just know that you do a thing called Stepfathers. Yeah, the Stepfathers. I don't know the conceit of it. I don't want to know the conceit of it. Well, maybe we'll, 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 we'll probably end up talking about it in a later episode. No, don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. No All right. spoilers. All right. All right, well, let's do this John. again. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Episode Absolutely. 24. Yeah, episode that 24. sounds great. We'll see you around, John. Hi, right, John. All right, we are now at 35th and 
Park I'm gonna, Avenue. I'm gonna turn this gear off. Okay. Your thing ran out of batteries, but I recharged it, but your My, transmitter might be low. Yeah. Check. Um, no, still pretty full. Interesting. That's full, right? Oopsies. Sorry, it's making an awful noise. Sorry. That's still good power, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, give me two seconds. Sure. Uh, should I talk? Am I being recorded? Uh, yes, yeah. you're being recorded. All right. Well, it's drizzling in New York City, and uh, I think we're going to head over. We'll walk back over towards the UCB training center. Uh, also, yeah. let me just press a button and see what happens. Okay, I think... Can you talk for a second? Talk for a second and say the things that are heard by hey, JD, listeners. talk for a second. I'm number two. Okay. Okay. I think we're... I think we're back in the mix. We're back in the mix. Okay. That was great. That was a fun little lunch. That was very fun. Um... I am Should we head back? We've walked to one end of town. Should we walk? You walk to the training center, right? Yeah. I need to plug in and get some juice back. Really? Yeah. Is that I thought it would charge for twenty hours. That's what I thought. It's not true. Okay. But uh, my backup battery seems to be working nicely. Alright. Um Normally, if I, if I didn't have to go to the bathroom, which I do, my suggestion would be, why don't we walk over to the water over there? But that's so much further away than to walk to the training center. So I think we should walk to the training center. So do I. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I, uh, it was very fortuitous that literally while I was waiting... One second. Okay. Should I cover for it? Hello? Hey, Kyle, how are you? Well, you got back from where? JD's on the phone now, so I'm going to go ahead and talk what do you say? during this part, separate from JD, and uh, just uh, he can hopefully use his new mixer to uh, bump my vocal up and lower his vocal while he takes a phone call. Uh, or maybe push us, if it's an okay phone call, maybe he'll push us into different stereo channels so you can listen for that effect. Um, my, I'm going to report on the, the, uh, the meal I just had at that steakhouse, the chop house. Uh, JD and I each had steak sandwiches, but he had that fancy kind, and I just had a regular strip. And mine was good. And I feel very full and very satisfied. And I don't think I'm going to need another meal today because I had a vegetable smoothie before I, when I got up this morning before I left the house. And I kind of can't imagine that I'll need another meal today. That was a very filling meal. Bread before it. And I had fries with a steak sandwich. So for all of the talk that I did at the beginning about how I'm struggling with my weight. I've done myself no favors today because I 
I just know that, like, I mean, although I guess we're walking around a fair amount. That's good. But doesn't feel like I've uh, necessarily made any progress in terms of, I really just feel like I need to have, like, get into the habit of just eating fruit smoothie for pleasure, vegetable smoothie for nutrition, and then try not to eat too much more than that. Would that be healthy? I feel like I'd be in better shape if that's what it's doing. I could just, like, gag down enough vegetables to be healthy. Healthy fruit in, uh, in to have some eating experience that involves a modicum of pressure of pleasure, uh, and then that'll just be my life. Ugh. And then the rest of the time I'm just exercising, and and maybe I'll just adapt to the point where that feels really good, and I, you know, gotta just all things in moderation, right? Ugh. Problem is, I feel like my maybe it's just me making excuses, but I feel like my metabolism keeps slowing down, keeps slowing down, and no matter what percentage of my time I spend exercising, I always undo it by making bad food choices here and there. Oh, we are right by the Empire State Building now. Uh, how delightful! It looks like it's really about to start raining hard. We're walking past the Walgreens pharmacy that is at the base of the Empire State Building. Uh, and I like that it's overcast now. It, there's a, mostly a good breeze. There's still a little bit of lingering uh, warmth from before. But it's a lot better than it was. Okay. A lot better. Uh, when we were walking before and it was miserable summertime weather. Uh, hmm. We're on a street now that I used to like a lot more because this used to be where uh, uh, Jim Hanley's universe used to be, which is a comic book store that it moved a few blocks away, but it's just far enough out of the way now that I All right, I'm back don't have any here. reason to go there. Uh, I think this. I think this lob. Yeah. Works nicely enough that I can mute myself now. Yeah. My other lobs couldn't really do that. Um, I just figured with the new mixer that you could probably pull my channel out while you were on the phone, right? Yeah, exactly. Um. It was literally as I was as I was waiting to go into your building that I got that email that said Elvis Costello liked your tweet. That's a big deal for you too. It really is because it's like the and you're the only tweet today he's liked. I'm the only tweet since August third that he's liked. And what did you tweet? I tweeted. I I woke up this morning and I saw that someone else I follow had tweeted like today's Costello's birthday. I'm like oh I always forget that his birthday is the 25th. Right. And. So I tweeted a thing this morning. I just, he's 62 today. And so I, for fun, I tweeted a thing about like, hey, 62, here's 62 Elvis Costello songs. And I just had made this like right. Spotify playlist. And then there was this other thing that I, I wanted to tweet about a while ago. And I thought, oh, this would be a good day to do it. I wanted to 
on Instagram. I just did some screen grabs of there was this music video that he did in 1989. I will say it's not a particularly good music video. Like it, if you watch it, there's a lot of things that uh, the execution of it could have been a lot better because it's it's very overtly trying to be a comedy music video. Right. And it, it needs uh, it's lacking a lot of things in it. Like it, there's a lot of uh, enthusiasm in like the sort of the art direction of it that is not I don't feel like it's backed up in good comic timing in the cutting yeah, or exactly. the performing of it but I always wanted to see that it's a very obscure video where Costello is painted and dressed to look like the devil Shit. and it's a song called This Town the course of which is you're nobody till everybody in this town thinks you're a bastard and it's sort of him a lot of the song has to do with sort of like the culture of 80s greed. Right. And he was specifically targeting Donald Trump with the music video. And this is 19, 1989. So it's still pretty early in terms of like... It wasn't totally hip yet? Yeah. Yeah, it was... He was definitely for a British singer-songwriter. Oh, shit. He was definitely... Are you okay? Oh, no, you're good. Uh, he was definitely ahead of the curve because that was around the same time that... Gary Trudeau started making fun of, Doonesbury, of, of Trump and Doonesbury. Right. So it was like very hip for him to be like making a video making fun of Donald Trump then. So I just like did a couple of screen. The, the video is only on YouTube because I uploaded it to YouTube a couple of years ago. Funny. And it's one of the few that hasn't been like blocked by. I have a YouTube channel called Elvis Costello Videos. Right. That for all intents and purposes looks like an official channel. But. Once or twice a year when I check to see how it's doing, at any given point, the copyright uh, machinations have done a few... It's never the same videos up or down right. when I check it again because at any given moment, Universal Music Group in Germany will decide we're doing a purge and then they'll decide, no, no, let's leave all our videos up because it's good for our... Right. You know, it seems like it's always changing. Do you make room for my backpack zip closed? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, and so this video, I did a bunch of screen grabs from it because it's like, it's this businessman who looks very much like Donald Trump at that time, and they have a thing that says Chump Tower. Right. And so I posted a thing on Instagram, and I shared it on like Twitter, Facebook at the same time. Right. And it was that tweet that he liked. Oh, that's cool. And I think part of it might be that... Uh, I'm verified now on Twitter. Oh, what from? Uh, from them actually having a process now where you can apply and say, like, here's why I should be verified. Okay. Um, it, before it was always like, we'll find you or you'll, you'd know someone. Yeah. But now there's actually a link where you can yeah. be like, you can say, here are the reasons why I should be verified. And it's a lot more people are getting verified, I think. Right. Just because, like, Realistically, if you look at my credits, there's enough things on there that it could be like, oh, right, you're, you can be verified. Not that I'm a celebrity, but enough that it's like, oh, you are that someone who's doing public things that can be right. uh, validated. You want, you want to have the official version of yourself yes. facing forward. And I think that makes it so that other verified people are more likely to see you in their feed. Right. A mention by another verified person 
might get blipped for them. Right. Whereas a mention by just anybody won't unless they go hunting for it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just a fun, neat thing because I've had a couple of those this year. Uh, I mean, they've all been done sort of with the intent. It's almost like a weird little video game of like, I'm going to say this thing that I think is interesting about a famous person that I like. Maybe they'll they'll see it. Right. And so I like had Albert Brooks retweeted and responded to me. Tim Robbins retweeted a thing last week, which was purely just that I noticed that Bob Roberts was finally streaming. It hasn't been streaming all year, and I'm like, this is a conspicuous movie to not be streaming this year. Right. And Amazon finally put it up, and I was like, oh hey, look, Bob Roberts is up. And then that got that got uh, rather than Tim Robbins tweeting about it, he just retweeted my thing saying that it's available because that's obviously something that's important to him. That like, oh, people can see. This movie I wrote that uh, and directed that is important to me. Right. Um, now we are walking back. We're near Madison Square Garden. But I also felt like that was a... Uh, yeah, I also think that more than anything, I was like, oh, that feels like a good... Um, that felt like a good little omen right, right like minutes before we start recording. <laughs> Like, it just felt like a nice little, oh, like, yeah. uh, little excla- exclamation mark. Well, you know what's interesting is talking with John, it was interesting to inject a different perspective into the podcast. Yeah. And, like, to have us talk about things that, like, because we don't remember at this point what we've talked about. Yeah. Between both the podcast and our actual friendship. Yeah. So there's territory that we don't think about going to. Yeah. Because we just assume we already know where things stand, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it's interesting to have someone else be able to drive the conversation. Yeah, I like that. It also is just like... It's so interesting because the... Our... Our overlapping experiences uh, adding up to like us meeting someone that you and I have both uh, been paying attention to as an artist for a long time. Right. And then it's almost as if we have amnesia about the the you know dozens of hours that he spent hanging around with us saying nothing. Exactly. Uh, it's a very... It's a very strange thing because it's hard to think of an actual thing that it's analogous to. That's why I compared it to... It's a weird form of time travel, the emotional experience of time travel, of, like, Marty McFly goes back in time and he knows a lot about Doc Brown, but Doc Brown has never met Marty McFly. What it's like is if, like... Maybe... Okay, maybe it's just a very specific example that I think about. Yeah. So it's like, I have my sister Allison with a disability. Can't walk, can't talk, can't communicate. You don't know how much she takes in or she, what she knows, etc. Yeah. But it'd be like if one day suddenly she was like, oh, I can talk now. And, oh, I, and I've heard everything you guys have yeah. said. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, we've never gotten to communicate, but I know your life and you know my life. Yeah. So that...
that's the closest analog. Can you check your uh, transmitter again? Yeah. Still going? Good. Still going. I think it'll be a while before because I haven't even lost one of my uh, squares. Right. And you're two. Yeah. Uh, What's happening? Nothing. I just my same anxiety about all of the gear. Because it's like before. Yeah. I, I got good enough with the task cam where it was like, ah, I know what two bars versus one bar means. I know how. Yeah. You, you I know were... what happens when it runs out of internal battery and it'll jump over to this. Like this one, for instance, right now, we're on this external cell phone battery thing that I'm using that plugs into a USB. And my fear right now is that when that runs out, there's no. It might not seamlessly go back over to the double A's that are down to their last life. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it just works, but I don't know. Yeah, you're you're basically. What do you call that equipment? What do you call it? Recorder. Uh, a zoom. 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 Like zoom. Like you're in a new relationship with this, and you've been hurt. You know, you've been hurt from your previous relationship, but you knew the ways in which you'd be hurt, and you don't. You can't fully trust. You don't know what way this one's going to hurt you. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, how's your uh, relationship life, Connor? Uh, it's fine. It's non-existent at the moment. Sure. Uh, but that's fine. Right. Um, the, uh, how about you, JD? Uh, it's good. I've been dating a bit, which has been nice. There's some people that I like. Yeah. That I've seen. And I think the last time I say people because the last time we recorded was so long ago. Yeah. But you've also. Because I feel for a while you were like, no, I'm never dating again. Yeah. But you've uh, gone outside of that rule in the past year or so, I feel like. Yeah. Not intentionally, but just like through the highways and byways of life. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Yeah, it's it's tricky because I, I don't fully think I'm cut out for it. At least not yet, you know? Right. Uh, but that's a stark difference from three years ago when I feel like you were like, no, I'm done. Yeah. So for you to be like, I don't know if I'm cut out for it yet is a optimistic point of view as opposed to what I feel like years ago was a pretty pessimistic point of view. I don't know if it was pessimistic. That's only that depends on if you're viewing not being in a relationship as inherently a negative thing. You know what I mean? Well, I would say it's inherently negative to think that it's impossible for you to uh, light up that part of your life ever again. Maybe. I for me, I guess it depends on. Those are all sort of in terms of like, uh, whether I'm viewing it as essential or not, you know? Um, yeah, but whether or not it's essential, my point is that the fact that you're saying that it's something that you think you're capable of or could be capable of and could be interested in the future is optimistic compared to saying, I've decided not to explore that part of my life ever again. Or just that, that that's not, 
Well, it just has to do with, like, what I want, you know? Right. Uh, if I don't want something, it's not, that's not inherently a tragedy. It's just not wanting something, you know, like, but it's viewed sort of as, like, but the way you had phrased it in the past was not that you... I would surmise that it wasn't... Oh, I... It wasn't that you didn't want it. Yeah. It was that past experience that had caused you to have a negative negative reaction to that idea. Yeah. Maybe. Um, the classic counter, maybe. Maybe. UCB? Right. Same thing. Thank you. Ooh. Things are moving around. Thank you. You see me? Yeah. I wonder what happens. So when you go into UCB, yeah. you have to stand there and they take a photo of you? Very often they don't. What happens to all those? There's the database where there's thousands of photos of high quality, high quality JPEGs. High quality black JPEGs. Black and white JPEGs. High quality BMWJs. I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the time um, people just get waved through it because there's just so many people. And it's just clear. It's like, oh, you're going... Like, there's so many things in this building that are specifically classes that are open to the public, you know? Right. Where, like, not just on this side, but, like, Ripley Greer has, like, three floors of studios there that are... Uh, haven't updated these all summer. Um. Connor just <sighs> rearranged our note cards. Yeah. Um, where do you want to plug in? Let's go find an outlet. Over here, hopefully. I haven't been here. I think I haven't been here since the last time we were here in an episode. Oh, yeah? Ooh, it's chilly. I like it. Yeah. Oh, there's see. one. There's Perfect. one. I'm going to use the bathroom real quick. Okay. Um, do you want to talk? take over talking? Yeah. And I'll uh, you can just leave, leave your lab here. Okay. As I figure out how I'm going to do this with my power situation. Thank you. Oh, what you hear? Okay. So we're back at UCB now. And I think the last time I took a class here had to be maybe years ago at this point. Um, it's a little strange. It appears like I'm talking to myself here. All right, how do I make this switch? I've got to get power going. Funny because I always arrange a way to organize this stuff that I then immediately forget about the moment I'm actually in the field. Um, okay, let me see how this goes. Okay, and okay. I think this is working again. Test, test, test. How come mine always gets so quiet? Let's see. 
Okay. Okay, so here we are here again. I also feel like Connor always entrusts me to keep talking, and I will immediately forget to do it and not do it in a way that is likely frustrating. Oh no, I can just put this somewhere else. Thank you, though. bad at talking when you're not here. Really? Yeah. Um, somebody just pointed out online that Costello has only, in seven years of being on Twitter, Costello has only ever liked 34 tweets, and this is one of them. Really? So he doesn't do it lightly. So it comes with a responsibility. A great responsibility. You're part of the chosen. That's almost like being knighted in a by way. Elvis Costello. In a way it is. Um, okay. This all seems good. Yeah. Um, when are we meeting, uh, do we know? I don't. I'm trying to text him, mm -hmm. but I can't tell. I can't tell if maybe it's not going to happen. I forgot that, um, we're going to, are you going to go see Muppet? take Manhattan tomorrow night or are you able to yeah I'll come yeah um uh that'll be fun it's for your birthday yeah of course I'm not gonna not come to your birthday party that's not really a birthday party it's just a just a gathering um but I forgot that um Unable or the Love to Die the the movie that I made for I wrote for Adam Sachs directed showing as part of the Brooklyn Comedy Festival and the screening is at 11.30 in the morning on uh, oh. Saturday morning. So it's like, oh, I guess I'm not going to sleep in. i got to go see that. 11.30 is not that bad. but Right. Uh, I still would have... I still would have done both. That's a bummer, though. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at the resume of someone yeah. that I might need to hire. Business time. You know what's funny is that there's a period of time at the beginning of this podcast where you would I would give me a hard time on Twitter and you would for being business, JD. Mm -hmm. And then I, what happened? I, that's just okay with me. Is that funny? Well, what's funny is I feel like I've just become okay with that With being title. business, JD? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was never meant as a, a an insult. It's just a fact that you always have had a lot of business to do. I, I have had comparatively little business to do. Yeah, it, uh... Like, I don't, I don't have a job, J.D. Yeah, but I always felt this sort of like, I'm not a business guy, I'm just a regular guy. But then it's like... It turned out regular guy was business guy. Well, it's just like it's okay to do whatever. It does sound pretty regular. Um, it doesn't sound like that's good for business. It's okay to do whatever, it sounds like a goddamn hippie. Well, God, I hate... I, here's what I wonder. I wonder what this exp the experience of doing this podcast is like for you. Me? Compared to me. 
well, it's different. I have to worry less about the, I don't under, I wouldn't be able to run this technically. Like, you are uh, very good at figuring out what's going on and what needs to happen and that sort of thing. It's, uh, it's truly a stressful endeavor. I'm, I mean, the, the entire time that we're talking with John, I was like, I hope I this like, is recording. I was like, I hope this is recording, and I hope it doesn't. The batteries don't run, and like, because what happens sometimes if the batteries run out mid-recording, it'll delete whatever. Oh, it was up to the that track point. was. Yeah. Such so I would keep stopping the track and re-recording, just yeah. so it was on a separate track, so yeah. that if it did get deleted, it would be. So you're recording it as multi-track on this? No. So it's like I would just like stop recording and start again, so that there's a new file entirely. Do you do that on this? Yeah, that's what I was doing during yeah. lunch. That's why I kept going over. So I'd be like, "Stop, record." Yeah. Um, Whereas I'm not. I never think yeah. about any of those things. But also, uh, it's pretty natural to me to just keep talking at any given point. You're good I'm at more talkative. You're good at continuing to talk. It's not necessarily and, quality talk, but a quantity talk. I'm okay. But you're good at continuing to talk without. You can stay at a pretty medium clip of stuff. I feel like for me, I have two options. I either don't talk, or I have I, a lot to say, or I talk about everything. You know, I, I get in. I just am like, get into what's deeply going on yeah. inside me, and that's why I feel like when I'll fill time at the end of podcast, going home by myself, I'm just like. I mean, a lot of it ends up being cliche nothingness, but I'm just like, you know, I think friends are think. You know, <laughs> like I can't Hot takes. exactly. I can't. I can't float in the middle. Yeah. In a way. Um, let me let me ask you. I'll say this in a blind item way. Although I'll talk about this in a blind item way because I think that makes it. Uh, I think that covers me legally, even though eagle-eared viewer listeners of the podcast will probably be able to put two and two together and figure right. out what I'm talking about. Um, so I'll ask it as a. I'll do like what they do when they retire. Even if we immediately go into talking about what the actual thing is, I'll do what that happens when CIA people retire and then they can write a novel but they can't talk about what they actually did. Right. Um, let me ask you this. And I'm sure I'm legally in the wrong. Okay. Um, let's say that, uh, and maybe this is just the way the world is now and it's part of the new way that they figure out things, but let's say that you were hired to be in a series of internet commercials. Right. And they were online. And then uh, one of the things that's... Uh, and you you paid well enough, given that they're online, they're not going to be on TV or whatever. Uh, and in the contract, one of the things it agrees on is they can also use your image to promote the web right. commercials. And then you found out that there was a, a major national tour featuring big, like, popular uh, music group, like right. chart-topping music groups, and that they were showing the web commercials right. before and after every act, and they were passing out things like item, promotional items everywhere that had your image on them, and they had... Like, whatever, fans and... Fans of the music. Cardboard could, cutout. These, yeah, yeah, and giant cardboard cutout displays... Right. Of them, do you think that legitimately those things count as promoting the web series? 
as opposed to being a print ad campaign for the product? Um, I think when you sign on to do a commercial, you've entered a realm where your ability to argue the finer points is is gone out the window. Yeah. But the moment you sign a paper granting a corporation any ability to do anything with your image, yeah. you find yourself in a tricky situation where even if it were wrong, you Doesn't would have matter. no recourse. The do you think from a uh, do you think from a just a general philosophical perspective right. that that is a new thing in terms of like there would have been a point at which this would have been negotiated as a print ad campaign as opposed to no no we made those things to promote the the actual ads as opposed to that these are new forms of advertising uh, what I'll say is that throughout history people always find a way to screw people over yeah so this may be a this hypothetical situation may be a new version of that and I would argue no one's actually being screwed over in any way yeah it is what it is. Um, I think the, the bummer side of it is I'm sure there's a part of, if I were a part of something like that, there's a part of me that would be like, I'll do this thing, no one will see it, I can get paid. Oh, I don't care about on. that. It's more just the idea that it's like, there would have been a point at which this would have not been regarded as like, oh no, these TV commercials are to promote the print campaign. We paid you for the print campaign and we, then we put these things on TV to promote the other ads. That it's being argued as... These ads are just to promote the ads we paid you for. Right. But as opposed to they are their own separate ad campaign. See, I don't know how things worked back pre-internet with ad, that yeah. jurisdiction, but like, let me try to brainstorm ways that I would have skirted everything back then. I would maybe, instead of, oh, here's exactly what they would do, 100%. Instead of paying you to do a commercial, I would have my company fund a director's short film that then they would promote the short film however we want it, knowing that the people that produced it. I've seen a bunch of those short films from back in like the 70s that were like, McDonald's presents. Right. And then it was like, this is just a commercial, but you probably just didn't pay these actors properly. Right. My point is like, there's always some new version of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting I don't thing. Think, I don't think the paradigm has changed at all. I think it's just a new method. Yeah. Um, well, the, and here's the question. Yeah. Let's say, let's say you were in a situation that was like that. Yeah. Um, pick in your head whatever amount that you think you would be paid for something like that. Yeah. Do you th- in this situation, do you think you would have been... Do you feel fairly compensated? Uh, if I imagine the extra money? No, imagine the money that, like, if a situation like that existed. Yeah. The amount of money that they would have actually paid you to do it. Am I imagining a different amount of the amount they... Oh, we're in two different realms here. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be fine. It's more just, like, the idea of... Uh, it being news to anyone involved in it as opposed to yes. like and and being like even if it had been negotiated as a thing like that right probably would have been fine but knowing that it's like it also probably would have affected very little for the, to actually also be uh, it, like it would have taken very little to, for uh, you just feel like 
in that scenario, it's just a matter of expectations. It's or there's a, something surreal about suddenly, if you had suddenly learned that somehow that was a thing that existed, you didn't know Yeah, about. and also knowing that in a lot of cases, companies will not do something when it actually would probably, they would not feel the effect of it if they actually did it just the right way. Right. There was a, there was a, like a commercial that was um, looking for people and I got an inquiry because I've had a couple of inquiries where it's like the client specifically asked about me. Right. And there was one that it was like they'd reached out and it was like this client had, for whatever reason, asked about me and I was like, well, is it union? And they were like, no, it's not. Uh, but maybe there's like a workaround for it. Right. But it was a thing where this product wanted to um, go to like four or five cities and for each city you'd get like $5,000. Right. And they were like, maybe there's a workaround. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the exact kind of thing that there is not a workaround for because it's like you, you're offering enough money that this could be union. You know what I mean? Like it's right, exactly. That this is the reason that unions exist is so that people who have money pay it the right way and pay the fair amount for, for everybody. Right. You're not a student film looking for a waiver. You are a corporation looking to do something without paying for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the... But it is like, uh, it's interesting how often there is that feeling of like, uh, that was also, that was a campaign where there was this, it was this ma- major alcohol brand and they wanted to, um, it was one of those ideas where you're like, oh, you haven't thought about this. Like you haven't thought this through because you definitely don't want the thing that you say you want. Right. Their, their idea, their concept was um, they wanted someone to go to a bunch of cities in swing states Okay, and have conversations with real people who are on opposite sides of all the hot uh, divisive issues of the day, like all the hot political right. issues, and talk to them and have a real dialogue, but then ultimately get to a place of what you have in common, like how do you let guys like to have fun? So basically right. it would be like, and I think that's the type of thing that, um, I think Will Miles went in for it as well, and they said to him something like, don't talk. They wanted him to talk about current events, but it was the week of all the. It was the week of, right before Dallas, but right after there had been a couple of things with like police shootings. And they were like, "But don't right. talk about anything that happened this week." And I was just like, "Oh, you don't want the, you. There's never going to come a point at which you actually want to have your product associated with two people. There's no issue where you'd be like, <laughs> yeah. I think we need to put up a border wall.'" And someone else like, "No, there's no, you're like yeah. you're tearing apart families." They're like, "Hey, you guys like ping pong?" And it's like, this is one of those things that some executives have this idea of what their ideal version of this would be. Right. And I guarantee it's not. Like, I guarantee this campaign probably did not happen. Right. Because at some point, someone in the room was like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe, like, uh, hot button issues don't mix well with promoting right. a beverage. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it feels like everyone's grasping at straws for how to get everyone's attention. Yeah, where it's like, I believe life believes, begins at conception. Like, I believe it's my body, my choice. <laughs> or it's just like, yeah. hey, what do you guys, you guys love to swim? And so it was the idea that these would be commercials or just fact-finding missions? No, they would be filmed like, uh, and edited down for like online little commercials where it would be like, and the, 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 what they were looking to hire someone for was to be like the mediator between them that would like not, it would be... But their idea is that it would just be a conversation at the end, they'd be like... Sprite, right? You like Sprite? And then they'd be like, 
Yeah, uh-huh. with like, yeah, sure. And then that's the end. <laughs> I think it would be like that we find a thing that they both like to do to have fun and then do that and then like also tie in. It's like, we're all not so different. Oh, so the idea is like, oh, we're on opposite sides of this. But man, do we both love cracking a Budweiser. Yeah. Right. Um, or be like, let's go, bo- you guys want to go bowling and then we see us having fun bowling and then we're like, also like cracking a Budweiser. Interesting. But it is like, you guys don't really want to be within a mile of any of these issues. You just want to sell your product. Right, you don't want a Trump person yelling like, yeah, homophobic slurs at someone, then being like, "Should we go slot car racing?" Yeah, and like of course, yeah. everybody loves that. Of course, I love slot car racing. And what goes better with slot car racing than root beer? Barks root beer. Barks root beer. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't know anybody. You see anyone? Well, this is like going back to a college. Four years later. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just like... You know the teachers. Yeah. But the it's teachers weird. are now all my friends. All the people that I used to hang out with here are now like the professors. Yeah, that is different than going back to a college. It's rare... But you no go one, back to a college. No, no, no one graduates from Yale and then three years later goes back and all the people they went to school with are teachers. Every person at Yale is like, hey, it's so-and-so from my dorm. Hey. Yeah. I'm the dean of the history department now. But it is surreal, so walking in here being like, don't know anyone here. They've, to them, I'm just some guy that walks some in. Some guy plugs something in. Yeah, that like plugs something in and starts talking to himself in the corner. <laughs> it is a... Yeah, but also we don't, this isn't where we took classes anyway. It's a different no. building. So I've only ever known this building as a place that I come and hang out. Yeah, I've never taken a class in this building. For me, this is just like uh, a place where I've either met people, uh, like let's meet at the train center, or I find myself killing time in Midtown, and I need an air-conditioned place where I can sit and read or work or whatever. In fact, I don't think I've ever even improvised in any of these rooms. Um, we did the Terry Withers Mysteries That's the only thing, here. but yeah. I was just watching for the most part. Yeah. This is where we had the... Uh, classic Will Hines uh, episodes those were great oh let's talk about Terry for a second yeah so we're recording this the day before the final no a week before it's a week from tomorrow really yeah I thought it was tomorrow no the 2nd of September oh right oh good yeah oh great yeah can you make it yeah alright good yeah I can um, I don't know why I thought because the whole tomorrow. reason the whole reason that it's not already over is because we couldn't make the last one right because uh, you were out of town exactly. Um, I did feel like for a while. Well, so the Let Terry Withers check my schedule. The Terry Withers mysteries is ending because Terry Withers is moving to Baltimore to run the yeah, Baltimore Improv Group, um, which was a big surprise. Um, you know what I'll say too. Here's here's the things that I'm going to miss about Terry Withers. Yeah, the mysteries. Yeah. Terry himself, there's a lot I'm going to miss about him. Yeah. But I hope he'll be available in our lives thanks to technology. Yeah. Uh, this was the first project I think you and I collaborated on. Mm-hmm. Even before this. No. Or We started this before because... Uh, but I feel like that was the first time where we creatively collaborated. I mean, this is just us talking. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, it was definitely... Because I think it was like... I, I would just track down the original... Tweet, right? And then me talking to him, and I think I called you on the phone that same day, and was like, uh, "We should make this as a TV show." And you're like, "Let's think about it." And then it was a little bit later when Shannon 
said, like, you should do a thing at the theater. And then I was like, JP, what do you think? Do you think we could do this as a thing? And you're like, of course we can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was a fun thing because I think we got to... Because I feel like our friendship has always been predicated on... thinking that we'd get along in certain ways. Yeah. And then, like, testing it. Yeah. And I think... Originally, it was like, oh, we like a lot of the same things. I bet we, I bet we could be friends. And well, and originally, I think that first original thing was realizing that we both had the same philosophy improv, to yeah. how we run our indie shows, our improv indie shows, because I remember thinking that Secret Man Group wanted to do things a certain way, and then talking to you and us both realizing, like, oh, we both are organizing our indie improv shows Which with a I similar th I think aesthetic. I think there's got it. I mean, it'll be lots of time, and no one will care. I think that was one of the golden eras of indie improv. Not in, so, in the sense that the performers were any better or worse, but there was a thing in the zeitgeist where it was about making these shows that were events and trying to draw this crowd because it was yes. before there was a second theater. It was before the theater was big enough. It was right when the theater and was... I had too many people, but not enough stage, and so the indie scene was booming with like And also groups. there were... I think it was, it's not that there's not still... Because I don't ever want to fall into that trap of, like, in the old days, people did it right or whatever. But, like, now I feel like if you have, like, a different sensibility that doesn't fit in one theater, there are other... Th like, you could do some of the annoyance. And there's so or, much room at UCB now. I mean, still, there's not enough room. But back then, it was, like, legit. Two people would be put on Harold Knight once a year. And if you could... And that was it. If, that was the only option. Well, you, you had... There was Magnet in the Pit, but those were all theaters that were kind of, like... Uh, similar structure and that there was a process that you'd have to go right. through and things like that. Whereas now I do feel like there are shows that go up at like at the Annoyance or at other kind of venues around that sort of like I feel like we'd be less likely to necessarily have a, a monthly show at under St. Mark's or to plan a thing in a restaurant or wherever right. it, you know then we would just be like, oh, let's try to put this up at this other theater or something. You know? I also feel like the improv boom was just revving up then. Yeah. And so there was an excitement and it was growing. Because I don't think there are that many. I mean, maybe there are. It doesn't seem like there's as many. I guess I'm just not ex exposed to We that. also wouldn't be the yeah. market. We wouldn't be, no one's going to tell us. We, we're not getting the invites because you get the invite from your classmates and your friends. But I also feel like back then, well, maybe you have but like, weekend teams everyone was doing indie shows you know what I mean like everyone on the weekend was also like yeah and it was like Jump on 3 would be like stepfathers can you come do this show it was like yeah. that yeah. was a thing yeah like no one has ever in the past two years no one has asked the stepfathers will you do our show at under St. Mark's right whereas I know that we were trying to get what any team we could to do uh, I think we emailed every existing yeah I don't I think I wonder if People even know that that's an option. I know, because remember, it was always like it felt like an exploitation era or like vaudeville era thing, where it was like you just try to stack your lineup with the like powerhouse. You get like Neil Casey, Will Hines, people like that to come do your indie show. Right. I remember we had like Anthony King do it, which back then was like, whoa, he does do indie shows. He I, hates indie shows. I hear. I think I hear more about that happening in L.A. Like how. Yeah, I, I hear more of that happening in LA than here than I hear about it here anyway. Yeah, but I just think it's interesting. Even I though think, the, I think the scene is better here, right? 
I do hear about there's like one or two indie theaters in LA that like will be like I got a show there tonight or something. But it's like remember. So for uh, you guys did what was your show? Uh, Secret Fancy Show. No, the one uh, that the one that I'm still mad that I wasn't asked to be in ever. Uh, the summit. The summit. Uh, you would have been asked to just end it at show three. Ended at show three. Um, but it was the kind of thing where it was like it's going to be one show where it's this scene bleeds into this scene bleeds into this scene. And I yeah. remember you sat tried to sit the audience in, in a circle. Yeah. But there's only like eight or ten of us. Yeah. And so I like purposely just like went and sat to try to make it at least feel. Yeah. Um, so uh, the Terry Withers mysteries. But I was going to say yeah. a lot of our. A lot of the things that we've done have been pretty kind of like I think I think we'd be I think we think about improv the same way. I think we'd be friends. And yeah. It's like I think we could make something cool together. And each time it's always been confirmed. Yeah. And Terry was a place where it was like, oh, I think we have a pretty good balance of uh, coming up with ideas independently, but then also getting on board with each other's ideas. Yeah. And yesing them so that it just happens. Yeah. Here's a uh, hey, long-time friend of the show, Riley. Oh of our day what are, Riley what are people supposed to tweet at you um, no there was a thing that ruined your life that we had it, it did we were supposed to tweet drawings of you shooting a hamburger with a gun oh man I, that was one of my favorite pictures of all time I, yeah it's uh, shooting a mouse with a gun larger than me and then it was captioned uh, this is what I like um, Riley uh, yeah. yesterday you were having an adventure on Facebook yeah um, where they kept pulling down your videos. I feel like this is a new trend in Facebook. That Facebook didn't used to have these robo- copyright robots that would police content like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm used to that kind of behavior on YouTube. YouTube or... or maybe uh, Vimeo or... Yeah. But, but Facebook feels like it's... You're sharing it with your friends. Well, I mean, they, I mean they've really gotten deep into the uploading and sharing... Like entertainment game. Like they want so, to control everything, but they also yeah. are paying attention in a way that's very weird to me. Well, that's the media aspect of social media. It used to be way more social. Yeah. 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 Post videos of him dancing. What were the songs? I was dancing. I decided to. I, I decided to dance to uh, the the 1999 Biscuit album, Significant Other in its entirety. Yeah. So how long was that video, that first one? Uh, the Facebook Live, it was about right? About an hour and I want to say three minutes, like an hour. And so three you minutes. danced for an hour and three minutes. Hard, really hard. Hard dance. and filmed it, and yeah. it immediately got taken down by Facebook, saying you don't have a right to play this about music. Three minutes after I finished the broadcast. Really? That's so frustrating. It was, it was so frustrating that I decided to charge my phone fill up my water bottle and then dance to another album that I listened to in middle school yeah. which was uh, Battle of Los Angeles did that get taken down as well? within three minutes of me finishing yeah are you gonna like dance to like Camp Town Races or something for an hour? I don't know is, is Camp Town I mean I mean if you can find like a public domain version oh there we go public domain yeah maybe I, I should I feel like just an hour of you li- dancing to public domain wait was it an hour? Well, the, the, the Limp Bizkit album was an album. Was, was an hour, for the yeah. full time it got taken down oh, by Facebook. I thought it was just one song. No, so I don't full, know Limp Bizkit. Full album. Full album. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you oh, danced okay. for two hours that and both of them were taken down. Yeah, and then the Rage Against the Machine album that I danced to in protest of my so people could watch other it, album get taken down. They want, they couldn't stop people watching you do it live. No, no. but it, once it yeah. uploaded, then they would immediately take it down. Pretty much. It, I mean, they have some kind of software that recognized the first track, and then now what if you just now the, Facebook Live cuts off after ninety minutes, right? Yeah. So I was gonna say you just keep a perpetual. In protest, keep a live stream up forever. Just play the album on a loop, and you would dance whenever you whenever you wanted. Yeah, I kind of like that. It, I mean, I don't it's love ephemeral. I don't love that I got that it got taken down. Yeah, but I do love that it won't be online forever. Yeah, uh, and it was funny as frustrating as it was for it to go away. Yeah, it, the dramatic narrative of it was uh, immediately set, was set. Immediately satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that you were like fighting with Facebook over these dance videos that you're doing. Well, yeah, that's why I chose Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, that's you know, I, I really, I really got, I thought I got my aggression out dancing to Limp Biscuit, and then it, I, yeah, and I was sweaty, I was, was exhausted, made. and I, I had to take it to another level. You should dance to the score and soundtrack of the Social Network. Oh, I love that. Uh, that's really good. A lot of ambient. <laughs> Slow yeah. ambient. I, I need something slow and ambient. I hurt my neck yesterday dancing. Sometimes when I dance too hard, I really hurt my neck. That's no good. I know. <laughs> That's a good. If you're gonna hurt your neck, though, saying but, you're yeah. dancing to Rage Against the Machine in protest of Facebook. Totally. It's not a bad way to do it. Yeah, it's all right. I, I, by the end of the Rage Against the Machine album, I, I had kind of collapsed on the floor and I had my phone and I was rocking back and forth and just kind of spewing off my more obscure internal conspiracy theories about animal rights, drinking water, uh, poverty, things That's like that. That's what Facebook wanted down. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, I, it wasn't about raging against the machine. They wanted to it shut was up. about raging against the machine. Exactly. Yeah. I really, I really gave them something to take down that time. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, we have to shut this cell down. Yeah. How are you guys? Doing all right. We're good. Cool. Um, what are you here to do? Here to work on stuff? Yeah, I, um, I'm on a digital team now, so... Congratulations. Thanks. I asked that question because Riley is holding his laptop and he has a bag, so he looks like he's ready to... came here prepared to do work. Yeah, I had kind of a work day. Yeah. Met with Fred from Honolulu earlier today. Hey, how's he doing? He's good. What's he working on right now? Right now, well, he just got finished working on the Triumph, the Triumph thing, right? Election specials, yeah. and that sounded great, surreal, hard work. Sounded yeah, I saw cool. he had posted that thing about there was that clip that was going around about the Trump focus group where he was talking about how they had to tell him to. He was apparently when they were doing those uh, the end of it where they were just reading the PSAs that they had to tell him to like close your mouth because he was apparently just like watching with his jaw open. Yeah. Yeah, that was a... Yeah, check out that video. Check out that video. What was this? It's um, Triumph... Uh, for the Triumph election special, right. they had... They made a bunch of fake Trump commercials and showed them to a bunch of Trump supporters. And for the most part, uh, they reacted to them as... Like, no matter how outrageous they got, right. they would find a way of being like, well, I would say it differently, but, like, I do... Like, they were literally saying, here's what we'll do. We'll put these porta-potties outside of Home Depot, and when when legal aliens get into the porter party we lock them from the outside and we take them to Mexico and we drop them right and their concerns were like well what if a little kid gets in there 
by mistake. Yeah. And so Fred was in the room or whatever? And then afterwards, they had them reading PSAs that were sort of like, they were just reading off cue cards. And right. I think Fred was like behind the camera holding the cards, and but couldn't believe that they were reading these messages right. that were like... I mean, there was... And then they, they, the, the... There was one that was like... Like the, the moderated version of that was like, we'll get house cleaners to go into these houses and then we lock the house from outside and then we take the house to Mexico and we dump it there and then they get to keep the house right. and they were like well at least with that one like they get something like this one's better than the Puerto Rican one because they like get to have a house yeah. and oh. it's, it's pretty unbelievable there was also one uh, they would exchange they would, they would give uh, what like poker no no like a casino what Gamble like credit for yeah. having your abortion at a Trump casino. Oh yeah, like casino credit, like yeah. house credit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. And people were like, "Yeah, they should only be allowed to do that once." And what then, a bizarre world we live yeah. in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Fred was working on that, and uh, we were meeting today to discuss the the roast show that I'm putting up. That'll be really fun. Yeah. I think we're going to try to do like a whole whole theater makeover for the show. That's great. Yeah. I think it's really smart. That's the 30th? Good. Yep. Still going to be in West Virginia. Hey, in, enjoy it. I'm bummed. Yeah. You'll be on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> work vacation. Yeah, anything where you're not within the state you live in. Honestly, it is. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Anytime you're not in New York is a vacation. I kind of feel that. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while since I've been out of state. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to the next. That'll be great. Whenever that is. But yeah, the show's going to be uh, really cool. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'll be there. You will be there. I'm excited yeah. for that. Um, are you going to be at Cage Match tonight? Probably not. I know the stepfathers are there. Maybe I will be then. Who are you guys up against? Uh, someone who keeps winning a lot. Uh, mannequin room. Mannequin room? They're on a real hot streak right now. Luke Gonzalez, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Rutter. Yeah. And uh, Chrissy Grubel. Chrissy Grubel, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I haven't been doing cage matches much lately. Right. Uh, I just did their pay per view, which was really fun. That's what you got, uh, what's his name? Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler. Yep. He's great. He's great cool. sport. Two totally years in down. a row. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, he just he was just in SummerSlam the, like the next day. In a, in a he was a contender for the World WWE Championship. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. And so like his one night off in New York, he came to UCBW. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He's great. I think all the wrestling guys are really cool. Wrestling and comedy, there's a lot of parallels. Very much so. There was a good kindred spirit there. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, those guys were, get their show, those guys were so, so down. They were down for everything. And they came to the bar. They're like the only special guests that came to the bar afterwards. Yeah. God, when X-Pac made himself cry. So funny. That was amazing. He was great. X-Pac, I mean, I don't know if you knew this. I told Gethard this, and I told X-Pac this, but uh, X-Pac was the first wrestler I ever saw on television. Really? Yeah. Flipping through the channels in like 97, 98. And the cage was coming down on top of, you know, like to right. go around the ring. And as the cage was descending, 
it's revealed that X-Pac was sitting on top of the cage, like sticking his tongue out and doing the, the right. suck it crotch right. chops. And I was like, who's that guy? That guy's the coolest wrestler I've ever seen. And then that, that was, that's how I got into that's wrestling. That's hilarious. So to and then like, he was uh, Bronco busting your face. Dude. I got the 20 Bron- years later. The Bronco Buster from X-Pac. Yeah. Really huge, like actual, sincerely a badge of honor. Yeah. His signature move. That's so cool. Iconic. Um, yeah, I still think about that. I think about that whole day. What a day. What a day. What an episode. Yeah. So I, think, I think there are like small moments... I've watched it back. I could have done a little bit better. I always think about that. Really? I thought yeah. you did really good. When the, in that moment where Colt throws a banana in my face, right? And I legitimately thought it was one of the funniest things ever, right? And I, I started laughing, and I'm like kind of wiping the. I should have. I, I, he made me break character. If I could have stayed in it and been really mad that he, but you I, could tell that it. I, I don't it was notice funny. that you were laughing, because when did he throw it in your face? Um, so I hit him. I hit him with the banana. Right. It, it kind of smashes all over the place. Right. Then he falls down and he takes it and he whips it at you. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. he gets like another move by the coconut or the pineapple, and then as he gets slammed on the mat, a part of the banana peel had gotten into the, into the ring. Right. And he kind of very sneakily just kind of hides it in his hand, sits up, and wings it in my face. Hit me right in the face. Perfect shot. And it was just so funny that. Yeah, I remember I that. I couldn't even tell what I... I don't remember thinking that you reacted weirdly, though. Um, it's just like, because I watch so much right. wrestling, it's like, I, want, I, wanted, I wanted my yeah, performance yeah. to be sure. just very, very accurate, you know? I think other parts of it, I'm very happy with. Yeah. But that, that's a moment that sticks out to me that's like, ah, oh, well, it is a comedy when show. When you kiss Rhino on the forehead. That was fun. Rhino, he's back in WWE now. Oh, really? Yeah. That's huge. It's really cool. He's, um, he returned to Gore Heath Slater, who's this really goofy right. guy, and now they're a tag team. That's amazing. Only a few weeks later, they're now a tag team. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good for him that he's back in it. It's cool. Yeah, he's on SmackDown. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's cool knowing he's a great guy. Yeah. Like... The, like backstage we're in like the holding area before the show and he just kept going on about how much he loves getting eight hours of sleep a night he was such like a normal like I don't want to say My, too much I, I want to say I want to say he's a human being he's not just yes a, and he's actually a very <laughs> he likes living a very balanced life it's pretty cool in a way that was like reminded me of so many people that I know yeah for someone whose job is to like fight other giant humans to just like and like bug your eyes out and yeah, exactly. like, like go into like some kind of crazy mode exactly <laughs> just, like it doesn't look human yeah he's a he's a real dude yeah that was fun yeah play any pinball lately I haven't played pinball in a long time I feel like the last time I was able to play pinball was when I had like time to be like Oh, I walked into a pinball shop. Now yeah. I feel like I'm just going from thing to thing to thing. Yeah. I keep, what I keep doing is I keep, I've done this for now, like a couple of months now, where I'll be like, oh, good. That, uh, on Friday, I just have to go to the office for this one job. Yeah. Or Saturday, I don't have anything. I can just hang out. 
and then something will come up and they'll be like, hey, can you do this thing? And I'll be like, well, I can do it Saturday. Oof. And then suddenly, but it's not a bad thing. I just yeah. keep filling my days and stuff, and then suddenly it's like, oh, I haven't had a day like to do nothing in a long time. Yeah, man. Which is good, but I think those nothing days are important. Because I feel like I only play pinball when I'm like, haven't done anything for a couple of weeks, and I'm like, let me get out of the house. No, I go play pinball yeah, somewhere. Go play pinball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you been to Sunshine Laundromat since it revamped? No. Oh, it revamped? Man. Yeah, they changed it up, man. Now there's like a whole back area. It's like a speakeasy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Like you go through a door that that looks like two uh, washing machines, and but but it's a door. That's and, awesome. And it's, there's a bar, and there's Whoa. like... I want to say close to 20 pinball machines in there. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's legal. Why not? So a lot of the reason why a lot of those places were laundromats is because the gaming laws and taxation for mm-hmm. arcades is a very strict in New York, which is why there's no real arcades in New York except for Chinatown and like fucking like Dave and & Buster's and there's like one Modern other. Modern pinball is one. Yeah, exactly. Arcade? Uh, what? Barcade? Oh, Barcade, yeah. But so Barcade is now, their whole thing is that they get around that. Basically, any place where you have, it's targeted towards minors, that's where it gets tricky. So that's why all the places are a skate shop or a laundromat. Yeah. And there was some rule that you could only have X number of floor space dedicated to this versus that. Um, and that's why Barcade gets around is because they're a bar so they don't have to deal with any of the I think that's why Sunshine gets around it too is because there's a bar back there oh right that's right smart um, but that's the whole thing is that it's like I guess at some point maybe it was like Giuliani or something they made the rules on uh, child centric businesses very strict yeah because I guess there's a lot of shit, shit in New York so I then believe it became it. almost impossible to have an arcade that was like four kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a very kid-friendly place. No. No, it's very kind of that uh, looks looks uh, it looks like it should be for kids, but it's not. Right. It's very in right now. It's one of those places as a kid where you're like, oh, I'm not allowed to go there. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, yeah, man. I hope you get to play pinball one of these days. Yeah, man. I want to get back in there. Yeah. Get that silver ball going. Silver? Have you been to? Uh, you? Of course, you've been to Silver Ball. Yeah. I went recently to, to uh, a couple weeks ago. We went to, uh, to Asbury Park for Fesh's birthday. Oh, that's really fun. Yeah, it was good. Played a lot. You get in kind of like a Zen mode, where when you don't have to pay each time yeah. to play. Yeah, you can just. There's no stress. There's no timer and. If you go when it's not that busy, there's not like people waiting over your shoulder, so you yeah. can just sort of be like, "Yeah, okay, I'll disappear into this machine for a while." Yeah, yeah, I got some really good games out of just like kind of melting into the, the machine like that. That's really fun. Yeah, it's cool. And there's also uh, there's a pinball machine there that was featured in a Bruce Springsteen video. Oh, really? And there's a little sign that says this, you know, this right. machine was famous. Which video? I don't know. Yes. I don't remember. I'm sure Fesh knows. Right. He knows everything. That's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I saw on Facebook that this podcast is going to record while you're on stage. 
for um, the stepfather's show. Well, he'll probably just find somebody. We've done that before. Where I can also just like plug into the board. I bet. But the other stepfathers wouldn't want that though. I just don't know whether how listenable it would be. And you could always do it on. Listenable. You could always do it on one of the tracks, and then. Could I? Yeah, you got the multi mixer. You got four tracks. So then I would take phone calls on the other ones, yeah. and see what's better. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe they sound good together. Put one in one channel, one in the other. Right. Um, That's interesting. The. Um, we'll play it by ear. We'll play it by ear. We'll see what happens. Oftentimes, whenever we've had a conflict during it, like if I've had a show, or if JD's had work to do, then one of us will just take over, and like, I'm sure that you'd be able to. If the, if you don't want to record the show, there'll be plenty to do. There'll be plenty exactly. of people to find. That's right. I need to find is one person to talk to you in the green room. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, yeah. best of luck tonight. Thank you. That would be a good show. Oh, I yeah. should I should stick it out. I should be there. See a good old stepfather's show. I'll be so tired by then. Yeah. Stepfathers. I was talking to Sylvia last night. Um, Sylvia, Sylvia and I were both did Nights of Our Lives last night and then we were walking to the train afterwards and we were talking about how like I've never felt on Stepfather's I'm actually in the building right now pressure in cage match it never felt like from the beginning it never really felt like it was ever a team that was like one, some, some of the weekend teams get so hungry for get a long cage match run yeah I think the longest I've ever had was maybe like three or four with Stepfather's uh-huh. but like last year we did one and then we were done we, we didn't even win yeah. one last year. Um, and it's always an element of, like, it's an older... Uh, I mean, initially it was an older, grumpier kind of team. Yep. Uh, but even now it's, like, a team full of people that it's like, well, if we win it means we had a good show, and if we don't win it means we don't have to come back next week. Yeah. Uh, so you get next Thursday for free. So it's a... Uh, it's win-win, lose-lose. Yeah. Um, I um I don't yeah I don't yeah and and I think well I think your chances of winning are better because that's how you treat it maybe I, w- I was surprised last year simply because uh, there was a part of me that was like oh I guess the students didn't want like I used to because we had a pretty good one that we lost on last year mm-hmm. we were thinking like if it had been my era of students I would have been like. And I didn't go to cage match that often, but the people that I knew who went all the time, yeah. there was that thing about like the smart strategy of like how it was almost impossible for a Herald team to win because it's like we get to see them for free every week or two on yeah. Herald night, and that the students would be like, we want to get free weekend team runs on two Thursday nights. Two weekend teams in a cage match, that's like, that's like a $20 value. Yeah. And uh, Plus UCBW, man, that's... That's high flying. Get all that wrestling. Comedy all wrestling. That's for nothing if you're a student. That's like at least a three hundred dollar value all put together. Right. Yeah. Minus the, the you know, the beer. Right. Buy a couple of brewskis. Exactly. You get to sit in a chair. That that pop, that chair probably costs a lot of money. The new chairs do. Yeah. It's probably forty bucks a seat. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a pretty big value. Well, I gotta get some writing done. Alright. Go to it. It's good uh, to see you, Ryan. It's good to see you, too. I guess my one request from the listeners, if you want to draw me like playing a pinball machine and really enjoying it. Yeah, draw, draw a picture of, of Riley Soliner. 
playing a pinball machine and really enjoying it. Yeah. Just maybe really like, enjoying it. Maybe like, like, I want to, like, one hand is on the, the button for the flippers and the other hand is like pumping my, my fist and triumph or something. Yeah, so he, would, he should be really enjoying he should be really enjoying it. So one hand should be on the pinball machine, the other hand should be pumping something. And just really enjoying it. And I want to see, I want to see, even if it borders on the grotesque, I want to see the expression that you draw on Riley's face to be like eye popping, like almost like like the such close ups a, of Ren and Stimpy. I was going to say exactly a Ren Ho excel. You know how yeah. like when he smiles and it's almost like his teeth are about to explode out of his mouth? Yeah, or like the bloodshot veins in his eye are like yeah. throbbing, or like there's, and there's like a zit on, so on his nose. Think about it before you draw this. Study the works of John Grixfalusi. John K. John K. Uh, and should, really, really, it should also feel a little bit like the moment in Total Recall when they get spit out, out into the space. Mars. Yeah. yeah, right before they recover, yeah. pretty beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, which I've always was like, if that happens to your face, you're gonna suffer. That's not gonna be good. Yeah, so that's what I look like when I play pinball. Yeah. Riley, what do you think the Blade Runner sequel is gonna be like? Not good. You heard it here. That's an exclusive. That's, that's our movie, exclusive. Movie reviews with Riley that's, Solomon. That's the movie corner. We always bury it. Did you see Suicide Squad? No. What do you think of Jared Leto? Um, I think he's a good fit for the, the modern Joker in movie form. Who would be your fit if you couldn't fit him? Oh, um, I think... Uh, oh, good question. Um, Martin Screlly, or someone who could play like a Martin Screlly style. Right, but villain. your first choice would be to go for actual Martin Screlly and see if he'd do the movie. Yes, yeah. Is that just a way of angling? You try to get that Wu Tang recording. Did he ever get it? He has it. He has it. Yeah. Um, he has. It's it's uh, it's in like a silver box. It's the one CD made. Did he listen to it? Yeah. Did he, he like it? He claims he listened. He hasn't listened to the whole thing yet. <laughs> He said something like really infuriating, like it's kind of middle of the road. Yeah. Which, realistically, it probably Might is. Might be. Yeah, but that would be more infuriating in a way if to know that he's right and he's also saying it. Yeah. Um, who's going to walk away with the Oscar next year? Um, we haven't really seen that many Oscar contenders in 2016 yet. So, so you feel the no Oscar still to come. I think no Jared, I think no Jared Leto is in the front. Right now, but that's now. not going to last. That won't no. last through the Oscar season. No. I mean, it might be Louis C.K.'s year. It might be... Uh, For Secret Life of Pets? Yeah. Or Trumbo? Trumbo was last year. Donald Trumbo. It was that good? Oh, wow. I never that's saw it. That's a bold it. prediction. I didn't see it. Trumbo. Trumbo. A slow build, violating the rules. Yeah. Trumbo might have a come from behind 2017 Oscar victory. Wow, Louis C.K. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I kind of. Is Louis C.K. in Trumbo? Yeah. He plays Brian Cranston's yeah. friend or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I played a guessing game at a Trocco in D.C. the other night, and I, on the way up, I made that. On the way back, I made them play a guessing game where I, I, I mentioned that there's an actor who. Uh, oh, I guess it was on the way there. An, an actor who is uh, supposedly poised for a comeback. Yes. And it was one of those that, like, it lasted for hours, them trying to guess. The actor that I heard was, like, potentially poised for a comeback. And 
it was one of those things where they spent hours and hours like trying to guess it, trying to guess it before finally guessing it. Find that kind of game satisfying. It's a very good road trip kind of game to play. I have, an, I have, an, I have another game like that. What is it? Name an actor who is 57 years old. Ooh, that's... I Harrison was, Ford. He's older than that. Oh, yeah, he's like 70. He was 57 when he made, like, Presumed Innocent. Yeah, it's true. Um, 57. No, no, more like uh, when he made uh, um, K-19, The Widowmaker, maybe, or, or, or uh, Hollywood Homicide. I think he was 57 when he made Hollywood Homicide. Colin Quinn? Oh, maybe. I was. I played this game once in the green room, and I was flukishly. I don't want to play it again because I was flukishly good the one time I played it. Like I got three in a row that were like exactly on target. Wow! And it was actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a guess for who might make be poised to make a comeback? Poised to make a comeback, huh? Yep, Colin nailed it. Oh yeah, yeah. great at it. I mean, would Jude Law count? It, it, no, but that would, I mean, that, it would count, but he's not the one. That oh, oh, it's, you're thinking of one specific There's one actor. specific actor who okay. the buzz is that they may be poised to make a comeback. Now, it may not oh, happen. Man. It may not happen, but it, the wheels are... Is this are the n- kind of game where you can ask yes or, yes or no questions? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, poised and to play, make a feel comeback? free to play along at home, but obviously, list, dear listeners slash viewers, uh, you cannot ask questions. Is it a, is it a male actor? Yes. Poised to make a comeback. Uh, it's room, you said he's rumored. Well, like there's been coverage speculating like, ooh, a few things on the horizon from this person that we haven't heard from in a little bit. And God. someone that if they this come back, good. it's like maybe it could be a comeback or maybe not. Maybe it won't work. Um, I've heard that about... Um, <laughs> um, What's his name? Uh, Rick Moranis. He would make a comeback. He just won't come back. But he did something recently. Did he? I mean, that would be my dream. Not like a movie. It was like a web video or something. He was coming very close to doing... uh, um, I almost had kind of a hand in him. Matthew Lillard. Kevin Klein. uh, Kevin Costner. Daniel Stern. What did you say? Uh, said a bunch of yeah. kind of half-joke answers. Uh, damn. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Was their most recent movie after year 2000? Yes. This is someone who uh, has had both huge commercial success, but also huge prestige-style uh, award type success. Christian Bale? No. Jeez, man. This is... I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis? No. And it's is someone... He, it's like, someone, someone who, who only does, a, like, a few But movies. it's someone who, like, in order to have a comeback would need to be forgiven. Okay, so... Travolta? <laughs> I like that, but no. Uh, uh, Nicolas Cage? Travolta and Nicolas Cage in Face Off? Oh, man. Um, 
Billy Bob Thornton know he's going to be in Bad Santa too. Oh yeah. You excited about Bad Santa too? No, no, no. And I'm and that's, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Bad Santa one. What is it that makes you nervous about Bad Santa two? Do the previews not make you laugh? It's just this, the idea. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the previews don't make me laugh. It looks stupid. It looks bad. It looks poorly written. It looks like it's the it's the it's the sequel as a remake formula that is kind of gross and do you, does it give you that now. Dumb and Dumber 2 feeling yeah it's gonna feel like Dumb and Dumber 2 it's gonna feel like uh, uh, a couple movies I don't want to mention because I, I like the people and I don't know I don't want to criticize cool people but uh, yeah it's it's it just it kind of seems like just a cash in thing I guess like yeah, it's just like the next. It's the the next evolution in how to cash in on a on a property is say it's a sequel, but it's really just kind of a a remake. With do you worry? People. Do you worry that people will say that about the fourth Vacation Jason movie? Yeah, I worry they're going to say that about the first one. Jason in the hood. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the hooded sweatshirt. Jason two L. Yeah. He, f- he tries on long sleeves for the first time. Vage 2 Vacation Jason Bourne. Yeah. Um, Did you go around town writing vacation on all those posters? I really should have. Right? I'd be the new mustache man. The new mustache man. I don't know. If you, if you had printed up big decals of you... And just have them ready to go around all over town and put just to stick you into those posters. Oh man! Uh, and then a vacation above it. Yeah, you can do you it pretty know, quick. You know you his like, name. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know his name. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd thought of that to pitch it to you a few months ago. Damn. That's funny. Well, there's still time to do a, like a bad Photoshop of, of one. And just I know, but I feel if you'd done one on everyone in town, you would have gotten a story in Vulture. Oh. That would have been great. I love Vulture. Ah, <laughs> uh, press. You guys get any press lately? No. A tiny amount. Yeah. Trying so hard. Yeah. I don't get press. Neither do I. I don't really do much. I only get covered by the comedy press. I want to get into real news. Yeah. I, I think you're close. I mean... Well, I handed a copy of my book to a guy from WNYC last night who also did... WNYC. Uh, who did, also did uh, Nights of Our Lives. And he said, oh, I wanted to pitch a, an idea about cranks who run for president. I'm like... Not a crank. I would be a crank for your radio show. Not a crank. I, mean, I don't think I mean crank in terms of cranky, but just like wackos. Crank for hire. I don't know, man. I think you should have taken offense... Right then and there, and not me. For that bridge, not me. For leverage, maybe you may be right. Uh, did you? Did your tweet from Elvis Costello get faved as you were recording? Slightly before, like five minutes before we started. Damn. Why you wanted to hear the moment? Yeah. Um, he's only faved like thirty-four uh, things in the seven years he's been on Twitter. And the previous, f- favorite, the previous like was a month ago, almost with, uh, and it was Keith Richards. Good that, company. That's me, me and Keith. Wait, who is that? Let's who else? figure out what other company you're among. 
Yeah, let's go through. I bet it's not all star-studded. Maybe not. Do you think it's something like, like, uh, like anime memes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Weed Seinfeld. Keith Richards. Uh, Radio Wigwam. Dwayne Betts. Dwayne Betts is. Tim Burroughs. Hit music. I mean, a lot of these are just like someone's playing his song. I mean, not a lot of people, but I'm already back in, like, last November without too much. Um, and then some of those 34 are his own tweets. Yeah. Um, the person that may be poised to make a comeback, uh, I was watching him movie trailer before I don't remember what movie it was now last weekend and it was there was this trailer for this movie starring Andrew Garfield and it's based on a true story it's a World War II story about uh, a pacifist in World War II who you see like in the trailer you show that like he was like I don't want to carry a weapon and they're like he's a coward and you see like his his right. platoon mates beating him up in the barracks and oh, stuff great, yeah. and then it's like you will go into battle uh, as your request, not carrying a rifle, but you will go into battle. And he ended up saving a bunch of people, but like really bravely, like just running in where wounded people are and like bringing them back. But not a medic. But ne- not a medic. And it's like he saved lives without and never fired a shot. And it's this based on true story. And it yeah, said yeah. from the Academy Award winning director of Braveheart. But it did not mention who that was. Weird. And. Oh. So I was like, for a second, I was like, wait a second. Mel Gibson directed Braveheart, yeah. right? Yeah. I was like, wait, but they didn't, did, I, did they just deliberately not mention him because that name is now a turnoff? But like, it's also not that, it's also a weird, it's a weird thing to not mention it because like, if you know what Braveheart, Braveheart is, then Braveheart immediately you, makes you think of. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait a second, did like Ron Howard direct Braveheart? Or am I right. misremembering? Like, I'm like, no, they really did like make the decision not to say from Academy Award winning director of Braveheart, Mel Gibson, to yeah. just keep his name out of it. So I Googled him to see, like, is this, like, a film that's, like, getting Oscar buzz or whatever? And they're like, he apparently made some movie that has played at festivals that is, like, an indie uh, or kind of smallish movie that is getting good reviews or good response. And it did, like, a Kickstarter web series about, like, babysitting. And did he? No. <laughs> uh... But he's got that movie that they said is getting a lot of Oscar buzz. Yeah. And then he's supposedly developing the sequel to Passion of the Christ. Whoa. And they're saying, like, maybe these won't work. But I'm very curious to see, just as a social phenomenon, whether or not these things work or not. Maybe. Interesting. You you never know whether there'll be enough of an appetite of, like we like his work or whatever like we'll forgive those things they've been away enough or whether he'll blow it again right. or whether he'll like be truly contrite and maybe people will be like well okay it was well, like years ago I think if there's any time for a huge portion of the country to forgive someone for saying awful shit it's 2016 probably so I or think- it's 100% not 2016 
I'm sorry? And, or it's the exact opposite. It's the one time where no one will forgive. Hopefully. Right? We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Or it could also be that, like, the moment that, like, Trump loses, that there'll be a big portion of the audience will be like, oh, but we get Mel Gibson back. Yeah, thank right. God. And they'll be like, oh, it's kind of like a salve, where it's like, well, we lost the election, but, like, I'm looking forward to that Passion of the yeah. Christ sequel. The same way that Christ died for our sins, Trump lost for our Mel Gibsons. Trump died Mel for Gibsons. our Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's the Hollywood corner. Two passion, two mail. That's the Hollywood corner. You heard it here. I don't think Bad Santa Two looks good. Haven't seen Suicide Squad. I do think Jared Leto seems like a good Joker. And Louis C.K. for Trumbo, Dark Horse Oscar favorite. Yep. For Riley in 2017. Yeah, yeah. this will finally be his year that he wins for Trumbo. Trombone. All right. Trumbo the elephant. Uh, good luck with the rest of the podcast, guys. Thanks, dude. Thanks, man. It's good to have you. Nice Thanks to see for you. having me. Yeah. Nice running into you. Yeah. I uh, I gotta go. I gotta get that writing done now. All right. All right. I'll take Oop. your love back. There you go. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Peace and love. Um. So we were talking about the Terry Withers mysteries, which I don't think we. It, just in case it's a new. I mean, I don't know what a new listener makes of any of this. But uh, it's not as new as you think. Really? Yeah. It's been making that noise all day. No, uh, it's not that it makes a noise. It's just whenever um, a transmitter stops transmitting, it makes that awful noise. So that's when every now and then I'm like, ah, oh, your thing ran out of batteries. It's ruined. That's what that means. Um. So, man, I'm still good batteries. Yeah, I got those lithium batteries in there. Ooh. Um, I do think... I got really tired for a second. I got tired, too. Um, so for I think those... I get tired, and then my body's like, take a nap, take a nap. And when you don't, it's like, what is happening? Yeah, it's what is like, happening? why aren't we taking a nap? We are asking so clearly for a nap. Exactly. Um, so the Terry Withers Mysteries... Just in case for anyone, in case we talked about that and didn't know, is a, a show that we've done since 2014. So we're, we're gearing up on two years. We didn't quite make the two years. Right. Um, and it is ending now because it's, a, it's an hour-long improvised detective show that... Um, is ending because our hero is moving to Baltimore to run the Baltimore Improv Group. Where are you going, JD? Nothing. I was going to use that outlet. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just got that. Okay. Um, the, uh... Hey, Dan Fox, how are you? Good to see you. Hey, how you doing? It's funny, I was just thinking about both of you in separate instances today. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Good things? Good things. I saw your video uh, at what shows that you're talking to some audience members. Oh, Future Forms? Yeah, Future Forms. Yeah. Were those real audience members? They were real audience members, yeah. That's a beautiful moment. And uh, It wasn't a real moment, though. It was, re- it was no. very funny. Yeah. Uh, I saw Elvis Costello playing in November. In November and December. Because now I think of you... 
I'm a big fan. Yeah. He's playing a solo show, and then he's playing two nights with the with the imposters. Right. Are you going to see anybody? I'm going to see all three of them. I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to one. Mike and I are going to see one of them, but then the other two shows, I was not going to go to both, and then I was like, he'll probably play different stuff at the second one. If he's just doing two shows, I'll reg- I always pick wrong, and I go to the night that he doesn't play some weird thing, and I'm like, ah, I'm just going to go ahead. He hasn't put out a record in so long, I might as well just spend the money on concert tickets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I want to go. Is, is it also that? The second night, I think there's still tickets. Oh, really? Uh, and that's the one where he's doing... He's never done this kind of thing before where it's, it's Imperial Bedroom and other songs. So I think he's going to play like most, if not all, of Imperial Bedroom, which he hasn't done like an album-based, right? unless it's like promoting a new record. Uh, and I assume that means we're going to get to hear songs that he hasn't played probably since he toured that album because there's probably maybe five songs from that that he plays a lot and then the rest of that album that he almost never plays. And certainly not with the band. So yeah, right. I think that'll be a really fun one. And I think also we are the, they're go, he's going to do a handful of dates and New York is the end of it. So, by the, so we don't have to see them like relearn the songs. Yeah, that'll yeah, be yeah. like some other cities will have to sit through as they stumble through the first couple of times. They'll be sounding tight by the time they get here. Yeah. Are you a fan? I've, I'm, I've almost never listened to anything of Elvis Costello's. It's easy to get into. But once you get into music, it, it takes... But Connor can't ever give me an entry point. I can, I'll give you a perfect entry point. What would you say? Girls, Girls, Girls. It's the perfect two-disc compilation. I said this on an episode of Zell Day. <laughs> uh, all right, I gotta go. I'm all gonna, right. I don't know why I walked into it. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> see you, Dan. Good seeing you. Good to see you. I see you. Um, there's a, there is a compilation that's... This Not, is essentially an Elvis Costello podcast. So what? It's 12 hours. We can talk about that for six of them. I know, um, but I feel like it's been, this has maybe been like eight of our 12 episodes, there's been like a four hour or more discussion of Elvis Costello. We've talked Henson more than we've talked Costello. I know. Um, the, uh, I just have nothing to add to Costello conversations. It's true. Um, I've just never listened. It's not your fault. It's a um, little bit my fault. So, a week from tomorrow will be the end of the Terry Withers Mysteries, uh, which is our, I would say, in terms of creative projects, that's been our main thing as far as just like a thing that the two of us spearhead and run and control. Um, So we're trying to figure out how to end it and what to do and how to make it a special night. Uh, in some ways there are some aspects of the last one that we just want to do a good last show that doesn't necessarily have to be like a, yeah I wonder what we should do I feel like here's my thing yeah I feel like when you do the finale of something yeah you should either change it up and give the audience something they've never seen before yeah or you should do the most pure exact like foundational version of the thing that you do yeah I think those are the two ways to approach finales yeah it's like either you turn the whole thing on its head or you you let it have its swan song my inclination for this next one 
is to have our cake and eat it too, <laughs> which is eliminate one of the investigation scenes right? so that we get to the family scene earlier, so that we have normal intro, acknowledging right. that it's the end, normal crime scene, one investigation scene, and go right to a good classy interrogation scene that is not right. a game changer. And any of the game changer stuff we do we load into the family scene. So we get to the family scene maybe five to ten minutes earlier than we normally do to buy us the time to maybe make a couple of crazy show-ending moves. Can I propose an idea? Yeah. Instead of the second... Investigate... Uh, I feel like we should make Terry go out there alone at some point to just reflect. He has three, four monologues. But you know what I mean? Like, if we put him yeah. on the stage alone, he will... Yeah. He'll give some sort of thing. Yeah. I also think it should end. Well, I and wonder. We should let everyone take a bow. Yeah. Which we've never done before. Yeah. In fact, every one of our guests is like, great, then just come and take a bow at the end. We're like, no. The credits roll. It's a TV show. Um. Um, I. We got we got a week still to figure out all that stuff. Because this apartment also just wants it to end with like, okay, so here's here's an exact thing that I'm thinking about. I assume this podcast won't come out. No. Sort of maybe interesting to hear us debating. Yeah. There's a version of the ending where it ends with Terry because every week he goes, every month he goes. Yeah. I love my family. Da, da, da. But when there's a thing to solve. Yeah. I'm going to solve it. Yeah. And then he pounds his fist through his hand and turns towards the audience. Yeah. And the lights turn red. There's a version of the show that ends with like, what's it going to be, Terry? Stay here and help us learn to be a family or go out and fight the criminals? And him going, I love my family. But when I hear there's a criminal that needs to be fight, I'm going to fight him. You know what I mean? Like classic yeah. ending. So yeah. it ends on like the, da-da, the adventure continues, kind of like Buckaroo. Yeah. Buckaroo Banzai will return. Yeah. Um, but then there's also a version where it's like, what's it going to be, Terry? You're going to go out there and you're going to stay here and be a family? Go out there and solve the crime and him being like, I love my family, so I think it's time to stay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. There's a version of that. And so it's like, it's, that's the, it's always hard to tell and it's, every show is different. Yeah, it's really just a, a gut feeling of which one should it should it be. There's also that thing of like figuring out like we don't know what next week's show is going to be yet, so maybe the thing will reveal itself to us. But I'd like to have a couple of potential landmines, whether we need to set them off or not. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> the whole point of like we should also get some old characters back. The, uh, I mean, there's. Wanting to go for like a good final like image, which the one time that we really did mix it up was with the Christmas special, right? But I don't necessarily want the final episode to feel like that. Exactly, that's because we yeah. already got that feeling once, right? Um, but if there's a way of, do we have that recorded somewhere? I think yeah, I think so. That was a great Christmas episode. Um, 
but like to see if there's a. I mean, this, this, the elements that we pre-plan are usually about figuring out something that we don't know how Terry's going to react to it because right. the whole point of it is to we surprise him and then he surprises us with exactly how it goes because like we did this thing in the last episode where which was supposed to be part of a long arc where we replaced Molly Lloyd temporarily with Alex Dixon. I watched the video of the episode, by the way. Yeah. Did you like it? It was really good. I, the part where Terry's skeptical of... Oh, it's... When he's like, we have to kill... Yeah. He immediately was like, we have to kill her, which I had not anticipated would be his reaction at all. She's a demon. She's a... I think your mother is a demon. Um, but he... Um, it's, it's trying to look for a, a thing that... Like, I like your idea about bringing Martin Sugar back. I wonder whether we should ask a Tamanic to come back in the family scene and, like, try to kill Terry. Because a Tamanic's one of the few killers who escaped, who got away. Right. To come back as Clem Tep. And Martin Sugar kill Clem Tep. And then reveal himself to be an undercover FBI agent who's been... I just been don't a- think Clem Tep is important enough to have that much weight. I'm just thinking, like, who's a performer that we can trust to come in and go full on? Yeah, exactly. Because it, it's not that that's, like, the most significant killer, but it is one of the few that we let is actually escape custody. Um, I do think Martin should... Here's what I think should happen. I think Marvin should take off his mustache and reveal that he's Martin. We never had him wear a mustache. Oh, he did We talked about it. But he didn't wear a mustache. He just came out as Marvin Sugar. Oh. You, was that the, that was the, one the that Diddy one? There. No, he was just himself, but he was like, I'm this brother, Marvin Sugar. Drove Terry insane. So then to have him reveal, like, you're right, Terry. It was me, Martin Sugar, the whole time. Yeah. I didn't die. In fact, I like the idea it's like, I, here's what I think would be funny, is if we find out that Deb was an FBI agent the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that... They, she was sent there to protect Terry, which is why she was away so often, is because she had to be doing work stuff. Yeah. And that Martin wasn't someone that was cuckolding Terry's wife. Yeah. He was Her the head of the FBI. Yeah. Undercover department, investigation department or whatever. Yeah. And so Deb would have to meet with him to go over intel and ways to protect Terry. It's like, you know, something where it's like, yeah. oh, these people were trying to help you the whole time. Yeah. And all the things I, that were troubling you weren't real. I feel like I don't want to burden Martin with too much <laughs> to remember, though, because he's truly uh, he's at his best whenever we give him a simple One thing. Yeah. Th- like his, in the scene where he was like, I was bequeathed the credentials to the family chat room. He just sort of kept returning to that, and it worked because of that. But if we give him too much, then it's kind of we're putting a lot on Martin. <laughs> but you know, the, you, like, you know the idea yeah. where it's like, all this stuff that has troubled Terry yeah. was actually for his good the whole time. There's something that feels redeeming about that. Yeah. Um, but then there's also a version where it's just like, you know, like whatever insane show that it's just like, nope, that world just continues to exist. Yeah. Doesn't all have to be resolved. Um, also, I'm trying to think of other... Is Molly around this coming week? No. I mean, Molly's due in like two weeks. Oh. Um, and she's in, Ro- she's in like Delaware, Rhode Island, or wherever uh, she is. I she already had her baby. She's in Rhode Island. No, she's two or three weeks from now, and she's in Rhode Island, I think. Right. Um, that was the whole point of replacing her was that she was like, I'm not going to be around until like January. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
the uh, but I think like finding a couple things to put in like along the lines of if you can think of something else that's kind of like when we did the birthday party like things yeah. that are like not pre-planning too much but just like one thing that we can like insert into it like it actually having Hunter wake up in the, in the crime scene surprised oh, yeah. both Terry and Noah because it's like a thing we hadn't done before right um Uh, I started writing a little bit of um, something to pass along to you to then go back and forth with to try to write a treatment. Right, for the TV version? For the TV version of it. Um, I don't know that it makes any difference that it's not a running show at the theater anymore in terms of like whether that would have, whether that just would have helped in terms of like getting people to come see it to be like, but there's a part, there's a part of me that feels like the stage version, in some ways, uh, closes people's mind to what it... Yeah, exactly. Like, if, if True Detective had been a stage show that was like this, yeah. people would be like, how would it ever be a TV show? Exactly. No, I think it's something that's better to go like, no, we've worked it out, it works, these characters work, we've seen it work. Yeah. But the TV thing is this. Yeah. Um, I think even just, like, even in the basic way that Tom filmed it and the time he filmed that scene before with that, it's amazing how much the camera loves like Terry and Noah and Terry looks great on camera yeah like that moment I clipped out a little t- 10 second clip of that moment where when Terry said um, let's get let's bring in Roy I'm gonna make him my toy and that moment of Noah kind of breaking a little bit did you see that no it's this great little moment where Noah looks up Noah kind of laughs and he looks up and tries to not laugh, and then he kind of loses again, but it's like, <sighs> Noah just looks so right in those scenes. Yeah. Like the work that he's doing is so um, subtle, but it communicates it to everybody in the theater. They're a great duo. Yeah. Now, if we, I forget how we even decided on Noah for that. I don't remember. I think we were just, we talked about a few names, and we were like, these yeah. would be good, and... I think we both just had an awareness of like he'd know, be a good Noah would be Noah would I think it was just this idea of like Noah and Terry seem like a fu- physically what you want to know what it was what is our, our original character our idea for Noah's character was a lot snarkier not snarky but he was more a lot closer to Noah he was a lot more of a straight man that sort of gave Terry a hard time was like really Terry we're gonna go to this yeah but then Noah found this character that is like has a certain naivete. Yeah. This like childlike, like there's something. Well, originally like, he was like Watson. Yeah, originally he was sort of like Watson that would ground everything, and instead he turned into this guy that like Terry mentions baseball, and I was like, never heard of that. Yeah. I was like, you never heard never. of baseball? He's like, no, no. Heard of basketball, football? Talk about those? You know what I mean? Like something yeah. where it's like he's a normal guy, but then he has these gaps in knowledge that allows him to reverse things. Uh, I also. I really like that even in a show that has continuity that we've been pretty disciplined about knowing which parts of the continuity would be destructive to the uh, continued life of the show. Yeah. That I'm pretty proud that in eight shows, I think, since um, Jay was revealed to be a replicant. Right. There, I don't think, has been a single reference to it. Um that yeah it's never been referenced it's never been referenced it's never I don't think Terry's even hinted at it and uh, to, to the point where like 
Did we maybe have... Did we have a conversation with him about it? No. I mean, in the scene, did he maybe say, your memory of this moment will be forgotten? No. No, because we specifically said to Terry after that show, don't make a big deal out of this. Right. Because we don't want it to take over the show. That we, didn't, we thought it was a detail that would be distracting right. to casually reference. It's too big a thing to casually just be like, well, you're a replicant. Um, yeah, but I feel like Terry's taken other things and referenced them in ways where it's like, yeah. we don't need to bring that up. What was, there was one recently... We talked about how he'd been to another planet. Oh, Gethard. Oh, yeah. At DCM. Yeah. That this is a killer that I've... Uh, this dead body is like, this is someone that I... Is a, is a former murderer. Former, former murderer. And then the whole thing is like, Chris Gethard? But that was Ben Schwartz who did that. Though. I know, but I just like that Like Terry was like, he couldn't... Yeah. He couldn't d- dissociate. He could, couldn't just make it that it was a dead body, another yeah. dead body? Even though he says this, he's the same dead bodies every month? Yeah, exactly. Um... He, um, yeah, we should, for the final episode, we should do something about the dead bodies. Um, we have a funeral for them, finally. The same three people that are murdered a dozen times in this town. Which, I think it takes place in New York, but yeah. like, a small town New York? Yeah. I it's, imagine it's Well, a, they've, they've investigated it, I think, the Empire State Building in Poughkeepsie, I think, in one episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, I imagine it's like a, a city that's like Omaha, where it's got like a couple blocks of city, but then it's mostly like suburban, rural sprawl around it. That's yeah. how I imagine it in my head. Um, <coughs> yeah. Uh, that will be very sad for it to end. Yeah, and then we have to figure out our next show. Yeah. I liked your one idea. That was your idea. Was it? That was your old idea. I liked the name of it, though. What was it? You came up with the name, which was... Uh, Magnificent Adventures of Professor Kane. Oh, the, the, uh, the, impossible, the impossible Adventures of... Uh, My, Professor, Prof- Michael Professor Michael Cruz Kane, adventurer. I mean, I definitely think... In some weird ways, like if we do an Indiana Jones-style show, it does free us up to invoke the supernatural naturally. I think we, I think we need something that does invoke the supernatural. The only problem is that we need something where the characters and their dialogue is at the center of it. Where the problem with those movies and that genre is that the characters aren't that memorable and their dialogue yeah. isn't that fun. That's what was fun about the crime thing is that like the meat of the entire uh, aesthetic is about people talking to each other. Yeah. Well, that's why I kind of think in, in the place where the family scene would be, we put the classroom at the end. So it, we kind of get a little of your stand and deliver idea. But I feel like, I think Kane's still the guy, but I'm yeah. trying to figure out, is there another genre that's has, a, has talking a little more at the center of things? To the, to the point where I almost wonder if it's like like a courtroom drama where he's like a hotshot lawyer that's like looking after someone and yeah. so then it's like although I feel like isn't there isn't there like if if we substitute crime scene for like uh, opening scene of Raiders 
is the crime scene where you have an artifact and some booby traps and a scroll. Yeah, but... And then it's a matter of, like, going on this, like, journey or something. But so my point is not that I think it's impossible structurally. My point is that what's fun about the genre of... Um, Detective show is... Or the, I'm saying the genre of uh, adventure things is, one, is the one thing that we literally can't do. Whereas the detective thing, what we did is we took something where the meat of it is the thing that we can do and the frills are the thing we can't do, but the frills don't matter. Yeah. Whereas the opposite is true of this genre where the meat of it is the thing we can't do and the thing that you, is just the frills of an adventure is the character and dialogue. And so it feels like if we can only do that, the yeah. show will feel very hollow. So it's mm. like seeing someone creep around fake booby traps that don't exist and whatnot is less fun than them spinning a wee, you know, spinning some sort of tail. Right. I think if there's going to be an adventure thing, it would almost have to be like National Treasure style, where it's like more about this clue leads to this thing, leads to this thing, leads to this thing. Yeah, that's what I think, though. Like, we're not doing an action movie. Right. But it would be about, like, discovering this. Well, this leads to this. Let's talk to this person. Oh, no, you don't want to go in there. It's guarded by an ancient knight. Uh, right. And then you go and... But I think it wants to be an action thing then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe. We might not crack it. We might not crack it. Um, but that's why... That there's a part of me that there's a part of me that as much as I would like to do another show because there's a part of me that imagines like if we put Michael Caine with Sebastian and just had them go on adventures that those scenes would never get boring no matter who we put them with yeah here's another idea that I had but there's a part of me that imagines that we're trying we created Dragon's Lair and now we're creating Space Ace yeah exactly um, another idea that I had is we get the piano out and it's a like Rolf the dog style bar uh-huh. where it's Sebastian Kane is the like head guy uh-huh. and then it's a turning table of people that come in and it's just a bar sort of like a, che- a cheers Rolf the dog kind of vibe He's on his phone. Yeah, I just got, got some business to do. I got some business to attend to. Man, lithium batteries last forever. Um, any word from our friend? No. Has he responded or just no? Uh, he hasn't responded. Hmm. Um. it may also be that we come up with some ideas and we just try them out and see if they work. Right. Because may, it may be that we find it by workshopping some stuff and see what uh, right. What kind of things would work. Because the other thing is we, when we were developing Terry Withers Mysteries, we were developing a 30-minute show. And then, we, and then it went so well that we were like, this actually works better as an hour show. And this time I think we're we'd be approaching it thinking like we are developing an hour-long show. 
Right. Which I think is fine. Yeah. I'm, what are like TV genres that are like evergreen, that they have shows that go on forever? I mean, like ER, they tend to be ensemble kind of things that they go on forever. Ooh. Um, Hospital drama. I mean, there's a sketch show now that, that um, Alexis Pereira does called Dr. Brothers. But is it a hospital drama? I think so. Okay. What are other shows that have gone forever? Cheers. Um, um, Frasier. Uh, what's like a pulp, pulpy plot, though? I mean, mostly the... I mean, there are a lot of genres for TV shows that lend themselves to doing monoscene-style shows, but those are just really, like... That's a different kind of thing. Right. In that, like, if we do something set in a bar, then you're really just looking at, like, a monoscene. Well, there'd be ways to... Yeah, you can move to other locations. Sam's office. Uh... Um, what do your next six months look like? I'm on this show until late November. Then what? Then I don't think I'm taking another job per se until Gethard. If that happens again. If that happens, would it be next year or sometime? Probably. Don't really know since nothing is official. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what is happening with me. I, I have no... Uh, this current moment is the first time in a while that I have genuinely nothing ahead of me in terms of, like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing two months from now. Right. Um is- that a thing that you are fine with or a thing that stresses you out? It's just weird. I'm not too stressed out with, about it at the moment because I live pretty frugally and I've had a couple of things in a row that have... But there's a part of me that feels like, oh, maybe there's going to be a big gap between like things that I've done coming out and me not having anything to follow that immediately follows them. Do you know what right. I mean? That like... Uh, Like two different CISO things. Yeah. Um, God, that cat thing looks so funny. The Debate Wars? Yeah. Debate Wars, I think, turned out well. I was surprised I was in the trailer for it because they didn't put everybody in the trailer. They did. They named me in the trailer as if I was someone that it's like you should know this name, but it's not. You should. Not really. There's no, there are other people who are on that show that, are, that should have been named. I know, but um, you're an up-and-coming, you're a face to watch. I hope they I hope they do another season of that because I think uh, they would definitely have me back for another season of that. I mean, what I saw from the thing made me laugh out loud. Just because um, I know immediately, I was like, "Yep, I know like the temperament you had when you did that." Yeah. Um, That's like right up your comedic alley. The. Uh, Should have brought a Snickers bar. I mean, we can go to a Snickers store if you want. <laughs> We go to the, the Snickers store. We go to the Times Square Snickers store. Um, but I, uh, 
Gethard texted me about if I had plans for uh, election night. Oh, yeah. Do you know about this? Yeah, we've talked about doing something. Yeah. Um, but it's all... I all mean, hypothetical. It would just be for fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anything I do on election night is going to just be for fun. Um, Last day on Earth style? The, uh, no, I just like if... Because I talked about pitching a thing to try to do something at the Beast right. on election night. Um... Now, JD. I don't know. We have three and a half hours until your show. Is Cage Ranch at 11? Yeah. Um, and then it'll be smooth sailing. Once we get over for once we get into the mode where it's time for Cage Match. Dare we go see a movie? What movie is on? I don't know. What can we go see? Imagine <laughs> literally trying to sneak in recording equipment. Um... What movie theater do you think you'd be having the easiest time getting that in to? Uh, Angelica. They just don't care? Yeah, Angelica, Sunshine. We could go see Don't Think Twice and uh, do commentary. We could think twice. Um, I still haven't seen it at Sunshine. Really? Um... We look to see if it's funny. Um, you've seen it, right? Yeah. Um, it's funny how um, the uh, it's now reached the point because it did so well in terms of like getting pretty universal like yeah positive reviews that then it reached the point where it started to get like now if you go on Rotten Tomatoes like the first. It was driving me nuts. It still drives me nuts that it's still there. When it when there was only like one page of audience reviews, right. it was at a hundred percent from critics, and it was at sixty eight percent audience, right. and it was down to one person who um, their their review was uh, uh, it has Ruffalo in it, so oh, terrible yeah, as that. always. So it's someone who thinks that. Mark Ruffalo is in the movie. Why would they think that also? I don't know. I mean, it could be that this person is just a weird troll saying a non sequitur. It could be that it's... Right. Um, I mean, it could be any number of things. But the one thing it isn't is a valid review of the film. And, um, and it was dragging down their audience rating to the point where, like, sometimes you will look at those and be like, oh, it's like a critic's movie. The audience right. doesn't... Audiences don't like it. Sometimes I will look at that number... And not necessarily investigate it by... Uh, right, you'll do some quick math in your head that's not really related to anything. Yeah. The... Um, uh, and it's like... Um, the... Uh, that first batch of reviews, it was just that one review, dragging it all down. 
Now it's got a higher rating because there's a lot more reviews of it and most of them are good. But it's interesting uh, to go through and read the, the bad reviews of it now. Right. That are on here. Like, I'm looking, one guy gave it three out of five stars. This isn't even one of the bad ones. Like, one of the ones is like uh, one and a half stars and it says, not even worth waiting for video. That's Jenna S. That's right, right above someone who gave it five stars as one of the best movies of the year. Um, Weird. Uh, Amilcar A says three stars. He calls it the whitest movie in the history of white movies. This made The Notebook and Titanic look like a John Singleton movie. This is the kind of movie that I enjoy, but when I leave the theater, I just hate all the characters since they mostly complain about things like their iPhones or their inability to have a career in situational comedy. It's been a week, and I'm still pissed off with them. Fair yeah, enough. that's a lot of people bringing their own yeah. stuff to the movies. Um, it is interesting to me, the more that I've noticed, um, uh, this Sasha C. says, one half of one star, and says... I'm boggled at how this movie has such a high rating. The movie structure is poor. The way the improv community in this movie treats their friend's success rings very false. And how is it that no one is aspiring for another job except Weekend Live? There are literally no other entertainment jobs. None of the characters were very likable. They had all the negatives and few of the positives that creatives have. If this was a movie about competitiveness in the stand-up scene, maybe it would make more sense. This movie makes creatives out to be idiot dreamers who are bad friends. Uh, this seems, that seems like a pretty scathing review of just improv in general. But it was... Like, like it, it's funny because it's like, without intending to do so, yeah. that reviewer actually hit a little too close to home. The, the person below it is named Vending Machine Critic, and their review is also one half of one star, but all they said but wait, was... You know what I mean about that one review where it's like, their criticisms of the movie are actually just criticisms, criticisms of, like, of yeah. this entire culture that we're part of. Uh, yeah, but I don't, th- I don't necessarily think everybody in the movie is bad friends to each other. Some of them are. No. Yeah. In the movie, you're saying? Yeah. No, what I'm saying is it feels like they're actually writing a review of, of improv, the improv and the improv community. community. Yeah. Like, if you read that review back and think, imagine if this was posted on, like, the message boards about UCB. Yeah. Um... But then Vending Machine Critics half-star review just said, fuck this movie and its ass, bitch. Also, right, right now, all you're doing is you're just reading every negative review of the movie that you're trying to promote. Yeah, but if you've listened this far into the movie, uh, into the podcast... No, this is a movie. If you've listened, this is a movie. That's the big surprise about this uh, episode. <laughs> Imagine if we paid someone to animate uh, all of this. Richard Linklater style? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, most of the, most of the um, reviews are all four and five stars. I'm just dwelling on the ones that are negative. Um, because what I've found a lot of times is that very negative reviews of things are... Um, and I notice, you notice this a lot on... I noticed it recently looking at reviews of things on um, Amazon that uh, 
people write reviews and they don't realize, with a lot of negative reviews, people don't realize how often the negative review is more a projection of like what's wrong with them. Yeah. That uh, this was the case in, it really made me angry uh, when Joe's Firestone's Punderdome game came out. Oh, and those people were like, and this game stinks. We couldn't think of a single, single pun. pun. Yeah, and it's... And I was like, huh. Sounds like more of a review of you. Well, and the thing is, it is... Maybe it's the fact that the the blurb on it says, move over uh, uh, Cards Against Humanity. This is your next party game or whatever. And Cards Against Humanity is a game that is designed that even if you are not a creative person, you can... Right. If you can put three cards in sequence... Right. The material is there. You don't have to think of anything funny. And... Uh, the you do actually have to be a little creative to uh, play the Pundergome game. Right. You have to be w- able to contribute something. So if you're if you're an empty vessel creatively, it will be a hard game. The photo of the is that the, the photo of the woman? No, I was looking up reviews of other board games to see what the low reviews of board games. And what do they say? Um, I'm looking at the reviews for Monopoly electronic banking mm-hmm. version. Yeah. And one of the ones that reviews is <laughs> ordered Monopoly, received life instead, and no packing shipping slip in the box. <laughs> so, Legit. So, but it's not a bad review of the game. It's I a like, complaint. What I like is that they ordered the game Monopoly from like a reputable place online. <laughs> and then what happened is they got an unmarked box with the board game life in it. Uh-huh. Like, they said there's no packing or shipping slip. So they just got a box that had the board game life in it. But also... And that's the review of the game Monopoly. Yeah, <laughs> they're punishing the game as if, don't order this game, they'll send you... The, like, that's a complaint for customer service. Not a review of the product. Oh, my God. What are you looking at? The next review. Wrong item. And it's another person that got sent <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be that vendor, maybe. Is it like a third-party seller? Maybe. Um, yeah, oh, there's, my God, that's another one. So there's obviously a glitch in the system. <laughs> no, Don't no, order. No, no clue how this game is. The shipment was delayed three times. When it, bought, <laughs> it was the board game of life, which we didn't want. Boo. Um, these women took a picture of themselves... They posed for a picture of themselves giving Punderdome a thumbs down. Yeah, I saw it. And you know, the listeners haven't necessarily seen it. I know. I thought we were having a conversation. I thought this was between us. It's the first time in 12 episodes you've really gotten offended that this is a podcast. <laughs> um, I'm just so tickled by this, this Monopoly situation. You should order that and see what it sends you. Click it. Uh, Click it and order it and see what you get. No. Because then you can write one of the reviews and say, I ordered this based on seeing so many one-star reviews from people who got life. So I knew what I was getting into. You can give it a five-star review. It was exactly what I wanted. Oh I received God, a, look a box with no. Look at how long these reviews are. My son wanted to upgrade the original version to this one. And I'm happy to play with him because he loves it. But trying to play this version can be quite tedious. With only two players, as he and I play, you're constantly handing the... Ba- Bug. Bug is. You're constantly handing cards back and forth, 
The simple task of paying $100 rent to the other player becomes a six-step process. Hand your card to the banker. Banker punches in the numbers. Get your card back. Banker gets other players' cards. Pushes buttons. Give cards back. It makes the game take forever. As other reviewers noted, you don't know how much money you have until you check the total by putting your card into the machine. This makes it difficult to make informed decisions. They just keep going on and on. And they said, other than that, the quality is fine. This one-star review this is, is not a reflection of the quality itself. Mainly on the way it's the a one-star review? Yeah. And they said it's fine, it's just she doesn't like being alone with her son? <laughs> this is a one-star review of her as a parent. Her son is not enough to keep her interested. She can't play with just her son and enjoy it? This is a, a one-star review that I think is great. The title is Pain in the Butt. We hate this game. That's it. <laughs> so ponder down. I wonder they, how they many stars. I wonder how many stars that woman would give her son. If she I had to write an honest review. Other stuff, yeah, right? let's read all of her reviews. Can you do it? Yeah, I'm gonna look for it. I think that's what this podcast should be. Is just shaming. I mean, just. Uh, the whole time she was writing that review unless maybe that was like this is my time and then I have to go back to playing these tedious games with my son my but, son hates this is that other reviews that say that no I just think it's funny um, god these, these things make me laugh so hard when the review of the game is this is the board game life <laughs> uh, wait where'd that review go you can't find that long review now? I clicked away from it because I was going to go find another board game. Um, there it is. Let's see. Maybe they like everything else. Oh, it's a guy named Benjamin. Oh, so this is a father-son? Yeah. Uh, he reviewed a solar light Put this light. He says, I put this light up on the side of my house over the trash cans. It works exactly as I was hoping. It's roughly seven feet off the ground. Now I want to find out why it didn't get five stars. There's going to be something. In an area that's <laughs> completely dark at night, and it lights up very well. Definitely as bright, if not brighter than expected. Oh, God. The eye isn't quite as wide-reaching as I had hoped. Yeah. Sometimes I have to be pretty close to get it to pick me up and turn on. But again, it's on the side of my house. I'm approaching it from behind the wall where it's mountain. So he's, he's upset that the sensor can't see him through the wall. I think that if we're approaching in front of it, it would turn out sooner. Okay. Let's see what else you got. Boy. Benjamin. see if he gets some more bad reviews. Ooh, he gave a very poor review to a desk fan. <laughs> the title of the review is Noisy But Windy. <laughs> he has some problems with the knobs on a sound spa portable My Baby Spa. Ooh. His review of the Rockwell ProGate 18 volt cordless fan is mediocre drill. 
Mediocre drill, terrible batteries. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is my guy now. Oh no. This is Connor. Yeah. Here's a review that this is his opus. So it's a, this is an owl statue that's supposed to scare things away, and it didn't scare enough birds. He gave it two out of five stars. It says, doesn't scare anything, didn't do anything. I still have birds chirping at 6 a.m. Is that the full review? We are about to see. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Helpful. I like you doing the sky. Oh, man. This guy's my favorite. I think that I think I could do this for the next four hours. Um, it's got a lot of positive reviews in here too. He reviewed a party popper. <laughs> Ahead of our wedding. For my sister's wedding, we performed a flash pop musical finale, which culminated in shooting off these poppers. It was amazing. I mean, you, and you liked Flight of the Concords? Yeah. Oh. But he hated the generic high capacity. <laughs> oh. And he updated his review. I mean, the interesting thing is if you just pick someone, uh, you can understand a lot. Of, like, you're learning a lot about his life just from these reviews. Yeah. To the point where I almost feel like you could create a whole show. <laughs> you could create a whole show <laughs> where the only research that you did on this guy was just through his... A fun to- his review of a ukulele. A fun toy, but not a true ukulele. This is a toy. That's all there is to it. God. I think that's it for him. That's it for him? I want to go back now and find some of these other reviewers. I think Electronic Monopoly is a good place to start. Let's you didn't say that guy's name, did you? I think I did. Um, I tried Wait. Googling him to see if anything came up. Let's, let's see how far we can dive into all of the reviewers that gave one, one five stars to Electronic Monopoly. They're not happy. I think if you if we look at Electronic Monopoly, and which one is it? Just the banking game? Oh my God! Yeah. Here's a crazy review. Uh, okay. It's a one out of five star review for Electronic Monopoly. Yeah. And the review title is "Is a Scam." The description says it is for up to six players. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. The description says is for up to six players, but is only for four players maximum. I'm very disappointed. This Monopoly game, for up to four players, you can get it for half the price from other sellers. The number of players was the only reason I got it from this seller. So they believed that this seller had a special version of Electronic Monopoly that was 
for up to six people. You learn so much if you just look at what they bought, what they liked, and what they didn't like. This guy, this guy, like, he bought a a new 200 amp high out, this is the same guy that you just reviewed. Yeah. Bought a new 200 amp high output alternator for Ford E-Series, F-Series. He says, I installed the, he says, one star fell apart the next day. Installed the alternator with some minor modifications to the main positive cable. When I ran it, I noticed a winding noise coming from my speakers, which I didn't have before with my old alternator. The next day, coming from work, something fell apart inside the alternator. Lots of grinding, pieces of metal falling off. Lo locally, he means luckily. Luckily, I made it home on battery power. So you get little flashes into their lives. You get little glimpses into like... Oh, I learned a lot about this person. Scratcher. They said Monopoly was a favorite game for my family. I don't know if I had an effective car reader, but new batteries, rechargeable batteries, no matter what, it would just beep and then fade and die. Super PO'd. And then their next review is a one-star review of a Kiss poster that they are mad was airbrushed and not the real photo. Like this guy, he bought this uh, mesh trainer swimsuit, this real tight Good Monopoly skin right. guy, real tight, good quality, fits weird, good quality sense it looks horrible to my opinion, it fits a little loose and it's tight at the top and bottom, I felt like I was wearing a balloon, but I guess it's a matter of taste. Four, Four stars. <laughs> Four stars. I guarantee it looks weird on him, it feels tight at the top and the bottom, but loose everywhere else. <laughs> it's a real tight little swimsuit, it looks like tight underpants. I like this review of Monopoly. Uh, this is for, again, Monopoly, the electronic banking version. Uh, no cash, no fun, enough said. There's no Monopoly money in this version, just a credit debit stock card and over-glorified calculator. This is not Monopoly, it's a joke. I guess I would go with the classic version. One star. This big biker. Game board is in Spanish. <laughs> I ordered the game for my son and just opened it. Found that the board is in Spanish. Very unhappy with this waste of money. I love it. This is the only review they've ever written. This guy's bought a ton of motorcycle parts and an electronic monopoly. What's something, what's a product that would be a good? A can opener. Shake weight. Shake weight. Oh, I like this. There's something called the Shake Weight Pro. I'm going to go with the Shake Weight for Women with bonus video content.
sounds you might hear are sounds from improv classes that are going on currently. But to veer back to the original thing, the uh, it really did really did aggravate me how much the uh, how much the reviews of the Punderdome game they're all pretty much either like four or five stars or one star, and it's usually down to the people who aren't creative don't have fun playing it. So it's almost like reviewing art supplies by saying, like, I bought these paints and I don't know how to paint. Right. Yeah, I, I, bought, I bought these pencils and my dog drawing looks like garbage. Yeah. And I can understand being disappointed because you don't realize how much of a creative element is going to be required by a game and you think that it's going to do the work for you. Right. But there is that thing of when you post a picture of you and four of your friends all giving thumbs down that is... Uh, they were probably like, well, we got to do something with this night. Yeah. And also, their idea of comedy is... There's something I found very sad about it, because to me it was like, oh, this is your version of being creative, is to just do something very negative about right. a thing that you weren't able to do. Right. Because uh, I think, like, I can imagine being frustrated at not being able to do something, and then right. being like, oh, this is like a... It would almost be like if I bought something that turned out you had to be super athletic and really well-coordinated to do it, and I'd be like... Ugh, it's not fun for me. I don't. Yeah. It's like, oh, you just like shoot three pointers from here, and that's how you play it. I'll be yeah. like, I can't do it. It's, right. it's hard. But then I, I can't imagine getting to a place where like, I'm gonna really protest this thing I bought that I don't know how to, that I'm not skilled enough to do. Right. Um. But I also noticed like, the. It's very interesting now, being in a position where starting to be in things that get reviewed because like we got a lot of reviews for the show in DC right and it was interesting because they were theater critics reviewing an improv show and and for a theater review reading audience so a lot of the reviews each of the reviews had some form of like explaining what improv is and like one of the reviews got very, you could tell that the person was like an academic and that was their mode of writing. Right. Because they were making up a lot of bullshit as they were writing. And like they specifically said like, Molly Thomas has been assigned the role of the hangman. She clearly has been designated to uh, end scenes that uh, have fizzled, where the energy has started to fizzle. Right. But it was written, if you didn't know anything about it, you would assume like that these are all like not just terms he'd made up. When did but we do like, the last episode of Flower Day? In May? Okay. I think why? Nothing else. Just trying to figure out if we had mentioned your DC thing already. We might have mentioned that it was going to happen. Right. Because I knew and in You like were in April. DC doing that April. That basically, for people that know, Connor was in DC all of July doing an improv show. Yeah. But I like the story that this reviewer assigned, projected mm. onto the show these this fake system that is not how improv works. It's not works. how improv works, where it's like, you're the hangman. You, I mean, it actually would work fine. <laughs> like, you'd be the hangman, do this. I thought about wanting to put together an improv team, not that I, I know anyone anymore, but yeah. I had this idea of creating a team that almost had a format. Yeah. Not almost, that did, where it'd be like, uh, I mean, I, 
don't know anyone anymore, so all my references will be bad, but it's like, great, Allison Rich, you'll always initiate the first scene. Um, the person that will walk on Something's to be your scene partner in the first scene is always going to be, it's like, to just make the perfect, it's like, all right. Because some of those things happen kind of naturally by accident. Or just never said explicitly. Yeah. But then that's why it'd be it's almost nice. like an Avengers-style squad of like you are the archer. And it's like first group game, it's your idea, it's you. And second group game is you're going to come up with the idea for it. Um, and then the third beats, it's you know what I mean. Yeah. I wonder if that would be. That, that I think that would be fun. Would be really good. I think that would be fun to try. Um, I. You know what I've realized. What. So, like, growing up, whenever I'd hear directors or people like that be like, oh, I don't read reviews. Or they'd be like, oh, I don't want to watch my movie again. That's why it's like, what? Yeah. You don't want to see an audience take in your movie and laugh at everything? It's like, you don't want to read the reviews? Like, you want to know what they're talking about. And then now, literally, I'm like, people write a big profile on the show or something. And I'll skim it, but I won't read it because I'll be like, yeah. I don't want to read the things I get wrong, or I don't want to. Exactly. It's just like it'll just frustrate me. Yeah, it's like I live this, so I was like, I know what it is. And then likewise, like I've never once watched our show live on TV. You know what I mean? Stuff like that, where it's like all the things that when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I want. And it's like no, after I've watched it ten times, I don't need to watch it again. Yeah. And I know what it is. I know how different people feel about it, and so I don't need to read every word that's written about it in a way that I'm like, oh, I guess this is how that happens. Yeah. You just get exhausted and burn yeah. out. Um, yeah, it was very interesting to be in D.C. in July because I felt like it was me, Shannon O'Neill, Molly Thomas, Brandon Scott Jones, and we do the show called We Know How You Die, and every night we would uh, interview an audience member, and then we would based on and ask them about their life, and then based on the interview we would improvise a version of their life and we would reveal at the end of it how they died and um, it was very well received we like sold out basically the whole run and got good reviews but it was interesting reading those reviews the way that like there were at least two or three reviews that speculated on whether or not we were pre-planning our improv right because they were like they would say things like I couldn't tell if they were reusing classic scenes from past shows. Right. But I didn't seem like they could have because everything had to do with what... We were basing it all on stuff that happened in the uh, interview. So uh, it is interesting how, like, when you have forms like that where it's sort of built in, like, this is the proof that it's improv. We talked to someone for at the top of it, and then... But there were also people who were, like... People would always say, like, oh, you're really lucky you got that person because they were so interesting they made the show good. Right. And it was true that like, it works better if you get a good interview person, but it's also like, if, if they'll co- it's just a matter of getting someone who's cooperative, like anybody. Right. It was so interesting how much the interview became longer and longer as the show went on to the point where, like, toward the end, the first half of the show was close to 90 minutes right. because the interview would be so long that we would have to do, like, a lot more improv to really delve into it. But so many of the people, like Shannon would interview people, and almost without fail, the person would reach a point in the interview where they'd say, like, this must be so boring. Like, is this going to be... F- like, I thought this was a-. 
and the whole audience, like we wouldn't even have to say like, no, no, it's right. good because the audience would be like, no, because the audience would get into right. the person's story. But like the next to last show, there was this guy who was 76 and he, he'd been in like a bike accident a month earlier where an Uber hit, knocked him off his bike right. and he, he was, when he, that's what we, we, he said is his like interesting thing about him whenever, before we brought him up. And then there was a point where Shannon was like, so tell us about this bike accident. And he was like, oh my God, I, I've been trying to tell people this story for like a month. No one will listen to me. And his family was there with him. And he was like, I can't believe you want to hear these stories. These are the things that like my family is always telling me, like, quit telling these stories. No one's interested. Right. And it was like, and I'm sure he wasn't saying it like I have a bad family, but it was one of those things where it's like, your family doesn't care about your stories in yeah. the same way that like we are interested. We want to know about you, and right. it was just very, in- it was very kind of moving how much like the people we would end up getting because we avoided the people who were like pick me, pick me. I mean, we would guess for volunteers, but we were avoiding the people that were eager to get up and show off, and we were right. trying to get people who were kind of like almost baffled that anyone would want to know anything about them. Right. Uh, I think in the whole run of it. We only had one person that we really, really didn't like. And they were the one person that we killed in the most vindictive way in the show. Uh, like, we did one that, like, it was deliberately designed as, like, a, a middle finger to right. the audience member. We were like... Oh, yeah, you'd, t- you'd mention We're like, that. we killed their, their, their friend and them in their scene in a way that was, like, truly right. gruesome. It's funny. I've been going to Stepfather's... What was it? Is it after Terry? I don't know. Maybe I've just been in the city on Fridays. Yeah. When, we, when I was gone? Yeah, I think so. And I went to Stepfather's and then stuck around for whatever the show was afterwards for a little bit. And uh, I realized it's been so long since I've done improv that it, like, works again. You know what I mean? Like, oh, as an audience member? Like, enjoy it. That's interesting. But then what's funny is then it started the cycle again where I was like, oh, this is fun. It's like, oh, man, I want to get up there. And I was like, oh, I should start improvising again. And I was like, oh, Uh-oh. this is how it works. Yeah. Not that I would ever, like, get back in, get back in, but, like, I was like, oh, I should get back on stage and, like, just, like, improvise again. Because yeah. I do, I still perform a ton. Yeah. It's, it's never, like, the feeling of improv has a certain amount of safety because there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in the other performance stuff I do because it's, like, it's all on you. You have to figure it all out and it yeah. lives or dies by you. But there's something really pressure free about being, like, well, we're sitting in these chairs now, and now we're going to decide what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I feel like... So now I'm, like, eager to do improv again. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you doing improv again wouldn't need to... Like, for some people, it would mean, like, how do I get back into the system? Whereas, like, you have enough right. friends and connections mm-hmm. that you could just make your own thing that would be good because you know it. enough improvisers that if you asked almost five random friends, you right. could probably have a pretty great team to play with. You and, know? Yeah, and I have enough friends where I can be like, I want to improvise again. Let's do this, this, and this. And they'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens because there's already the natural sort of progression that's happening with it in terms of how big it's getting. Right. But what I'm kind of curious about is like, there will be a, a don't think twice boom that happens in terms of like people see it and kind of wanting to do it like if I had watched that movie when I was like 14 right 
it would have really put it in my head in terms of like I would have looked past all the things in the movie that have to do with like the career and yeah. just would have been like oh I like that philosophy of doing that thing right but then it's a question of like does that is that a bigger boom in terms of like next year people taking more classes or right now or is it a thing where it's like the people who are like I'm going to move to New York a few years like is it a thing that like the big thing will actually happen four years from now right where it's like uh, I remember seeing that and it made me think oh I want to do that because it kind of is one of those things like I feel like it is the kind of movie in some ways that it's like puts a very specific uh, uh, focus on like you go to this place and this is how you do it you see them taking classes you see them doing this well to me it's like the current improv boom being a result of 10 years ago Amy E and Matt and Matt and Amy's success you know what I mean yeah like Amy being on SNL and that being like oh yeah she's from this and being like well that's a TV show well it's not just that it's a theater right and that that leads to a point where suddenly a bunch of people are taking classes and then 10 years then 10 years later it's a giant massive thing yeah it was interesting I went out I was out in LA a couple weeks ago doing the UCB show for CISO uh, and for the second season and I'll be curious to see how it cuts together but I was basically doing a George Lucas bit but I was also like they were also sort of testing to see whether or not it would work to have a character host an episode right um, and it was a very uh, like it was exhausting because it was like two two tapings in the evening like two like 90 minute shows right uh, but it was fun to try it and it was fun to be in that that was the first time I've been in that theater and it looked different than it normally does because they'd sort of like spent a, they closed down Sunset for a few days to like trick it out to make it a TV recording uh, to make it's like they put in like a false ce- uh, ce- uh, like a lower ceiling to make it feel more uh, like they wanted it to, to look sort of but I'll be curious to see like with like the things that I have coming up are all CISO things and I don't know anyone who has CISO do you have CISO? I have it. But I'm one of the few people that I know who has it. I have CISO. Did you get it as an Amazon add-on or just as its own thing? I sure it as its own thing. I had it as its own thing when it started just because I was like, oh, I want to see what they have. And I didn't know you could get it as an Amazon add-on. Then when they made it an Amazon add-on, I made it that because it'll make it easier for my parents to watch it Right. Uh, in Missouri. But even then, I think they'll be watching it on my Amazon rather than being extra subscribers to it. Um... I uh, I hope it lasts mostly because it sort of feels like that's where that's where the, the couple of work things have been for me and I feel like it would if it continues I feel like that will continue to be a place where uh, I already have a foot in the door a little bit with some things yeah I hope it I hope they keep making stuff because I think it's, I think they're doing a cool thing because to me even if that wasn't the case, it looks like the kind of thing that, like, if I was, if the me who was 12 would have been like, we have to get this channel. We have this thing, and it's like a comedy channel. We have to add it. You know? Yeah, exactly. 
I have less less time and energy to watch comedy stuff than I used to. Uh, what have you watched on CISO? I've mostly watched uh, catalog stuff on there. I watched most of. I'm making my way through Thingstarter. Mainly I don't watch just because I just because I know everybody who's on that. I watched Harmon Quest, which well, I, I really started Harmon Quest. And I like what I've seen of it so far. And I've watched. Um, Bajillion dollar properties. That's supposed to be good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've watched. And what else is on CISO that I watched? I feel like I'm missing a big one. I can't remember though. But I've really enjoyed Harmon Quest. Yeah, like that's I've, a fun ne- show. I've never followed any of the Dan Harmon universe stuff. Mm-hmm. You watch Community. I did, but like you know, he has his whole he has, like yeah, Harmontown, yeah, yeah, his whole thing. But just the show itself, I found enjoyable. Yeah, he did monologues at ASCAT once when I was doing ASCAT. And, oh really? Uh, he was fun. Sorry, I'm responding to text messages. That's okay. Um, I uh, have we talked about Coin Heist? No. What is that? It was that team movie that I made earlier this year? That it's kind of an interest. There's an article in the New York Times that mentioned it recently, and it was specifically saying that the company that made it, and I, I think I got it through a sort of or at least I got my foot in the door with it um, because one of the producers of it was one of the Project Greenlight producers. Right. And I think it might even be the same company that produced the last season of Project Greenlight. And the article was specifically about their business model, which is they uh, buy up scripts that have been sitting on the shelf for a decade at other companies and then see if they can do anything with them. Right. So, like, they basically, like, bought, like, 50 unproduced scripts that Miramax owned that they bought in, like, the late 90s or something. And that they, the option was, like, they were... Right. Either they were done or they wanted to be rid of these. Like, right. they're never going to make them. And then they would look at the script and they would say, maybe we can do something with this. And they, what they do is they'll take the script... And then they'll find, like, you're a teen fiction author. Adapt this into a teen fiction novel, and we see how well it does, if it finds an audience. And then if that does that, then we adapt that teen fiction novel into a new screenplay. Interesting. And so, uh, and sometimes they'll be like, what, they'll look at a, an old script and be like, why did this never get made? What's good about it? What, can, what would work now? Whatever. So this movie, Coin Heist started off as a screenplay set in England about uh, a teacher who gets his students to try to rob the Royal Mint. And it was written, this original screenplay was written by the guy who wrote Twins and Junior. Okay. And a bunch of other stuff. And the original writer gets very little for this new thing. Like, he basically got like, here's a thousand bucks. Right. 
and you don't own any of this anymore. Like you don't get the rights to any of it, but you just get a payoff. And they said for the most part, they talked to this original guy and he was like, I never, I thought it was gone. So like, I'm happy to get a free thousand dollar check for a script that I thought I wrote and then no one did anything with. Um, But he probably already got paid for also. Yeah, he already got paid for it. And he was like, I thought nothing would happen. So I'm happy to just get an extra thing of free money for a thing that otherwise no one's going to ever make the original one. but it is something that still feels weird in terms of like those kind of buyout things always feel like, oh, like if it becomes a huge hit, he's going to be like, oh. Right, when he walks around at a music festival and sees a bunch of fan cardboard cutouts of himself. Yeah. He'll be weirded out by it. Um, so like they took his script and they, re- they made it more teeny and they set it in America and then they wrote, had someone write this novel and then they hired the person who wrote and directed the film to write the screenplay based on the novel. Uh, so did the novel I think the novel did okay like the novel had like enough of a following that they were like let's make a movie of it interesting but I'm very curious to see because the other thing that's weird about it is the it was me and a bunch of teen actors who like one of them I think was did you play the teacher no I was not the teacher I was the head of the mint I'm in two movies in which I play the exact same function in both of them which is I am in charge of something and someone distracts me while I am robbed. Right. Uh, or I'm like responsible enough to be in charge of something but gullible enough to get tricked so that other people can do something clever. That's amazing. Um, and, but to the actors um, who were in Coin Heist, who were like, it was mostly teen actors right. in the scenes that I was filming who were playing the students. And like one was, one of the actors from Pretty Little Liars, and another one I think had like millions of followers on YouTube, and but they're all part of this other generation, this other world. The other like adult actors who were there were both in the movie Spotlight, okay, and they both played abuse victims, adult abuse victims. Jeez. And there's the one who's the head of the group, uh, and then there's the one who has the big breakdown, the one that has like the most disturbing right. like breakdown scene. And I remember thinking like, it's so strange that you're both in this movie like it's a weird thing to be like the uh, like when you see people who are part of like one thread of like the wire or something like that or like oh right. two of the cops from the wire turned up as circus clowns in this other movie or like right uh, you know a couple of the uh, city council cast members from the wire showed up as like members of like an acoustic band in a music biopic right. or something it's like whenever you see anyone from the cast of Clerks in anything else. What are their names? Oh. The main guy. Uh, uh, I completely forget his name now. But he like did like a couple things. Yeah. And it's just always like... Oh, it's the guy from Clerks. Oh, it's the guy from Clerks. Yeah. But the... Uh, Neil Huff is one of the two guys. And he was, like, he, was on, he was actually on The Wire as well. And he was in a couple of Wes Anderson movies. And uh, he he plays like a I think a parent or a school teacher. I think he's one of the parents who's like a chaperoning this field trip. And he came up to me because they had me do a take where they had me improvise. I think he said it was like he remembers the number. It was either nine minutes or twelve minutes they were shooting the coverage of the students and they just wanted me to talk about coins. 
So I just, and I didn't, I hadn't done particularly any research for so it. So I was just bullshitting about coins, but nonstop for right. over nine minutes. And nothing that sounded overtly fake, but nothing that was based on anything yeah. real. It was just me talking about like how money is more, it was like me taking the topic of money seriously and talking about how we think of money as a currency, but it's actually so much more. There, uh, there are five different ways to consider money. There's uh, uh, culturally, aesthetically. I was just like naming right. these like categories of that, and then they're breaking it down. Okay, so uh, we look at them as works of art as well, because these are these are engraved, these are crafted, and these right. are made by some of the finest artisans in America because they have to be. You know, it's just like a right. lot of like uh, fake talk. Well, I don't think any of it will be in the movie. Culturally, socially, socially, politically, politically, morally. Morally, ethically, yeah. <laughs> just like real fine yeah. points. The difference between political, moral, and ethic. I could talk to you about coins yeah, exactly. and the way that those three uh, categories never intersect, except when it comes to um, <sighs> very excited to see the Muppets take Manhattan tomorrow. I haven't seen that one in a theater since it came out. Sorry, I'm. Uh, That's okay. Trying to email. I have to email someone about the link to. No, the link to uh, dumpster footage. Oh, cool. Um. The. Uh, that Facebook uh, that Facebook memories function I've never used that what do you mean you use it it just comes up oh I guess I don't think I use Facebook enough to understand what everything is it's I'm glad it exists but it is also exhausting to me because the Facebook memory algorithm now it's feeding on things from five, four, uh, three, and two years ago. So almost every day when I go into Facebook, there's some reminder of like, on this day in 2012, you did this. And so the fact that it's not just one year, but like right. a collection of years, many of which were very busy, like it's like anything from 2011 like now, at least once a week, it's like, this lone cornmeal machine video went up. Because so, now you're hitting a point where you've had a, a lot of more fake Facebook activity? Yeah, where, where there, like, the amount of content that on any given day, if you're counting one year, I would take maybe some days off in between. But if you're taking from multiple years, every day has something where it's like, I posted this. Right. And uh, I posted... I try to avoid posting, like, activating it too much because right. I'll, I won't have any time to do anything else. And then right. five years from now, I'll have no Facebook memories. Sure. Um, that was a really sad... I won't have done anything. Dark. Um, but, like, the last... Not the very last one that we did in the last episode, but the last of the regular Lone Cornmeal shorts, the one that was, like, the um, hand-drawn... The one that was about paranoia, that it was right. all line-drawing... And I hadn't thought about it since it aired. And it wasn't even something that at the time I thought that much about. But then I was like, 
oh yeah, I remember like that, the reason we really stopped doing them was because that one uh, took so much effort, and the and and it was just really a fluke of timing more than anything. Right. It got absolutely zero response from anybody. Because I, I think it like got on the show super late. Well, like it wasn't even that. It wasn't even what happened in the studio because our experience most of the time in the studio was that most of them when we or the first we didn't even have a monitor in the studio, so the people right. in there wouldn't see them. But the next day we would get people online saying, right. like, "Oh, there's this, oh, there's that," and then we came back like with a few. After the first thirteen, we had a few more that were like standalone ones. And there was that birds one that got a pretty good response. So we were like, oh, we'll do another one when we get a chance. But it was hard once we were out of the rhythm of the, like, the audience for the show was so shifting and changing over time that uh, we did that line drawing one, which was both, like, two and a half minutes of full animation. And then I wrote a song that matched up, because I couldn't, I had to write a song that would match up with an already timed out piece of animation using like right. a backing track and then just being like can I come up with a song that, that, that will, that will this, match yeah. this thing so it was like one of my favorites in terms of like we really did a good job and then it got like no reaction in the studio because I think there was just the commotion of that's when we were using it to cover the gap right. in changing the, the tape but then the next day it was the fact that there was no None of the people who normally ever would have responded online, there was like no, no, no feedback at all. And so I think we both had the feeling of like, yeah, well, we can't do these again yeah. because it was just sort of like, it, it's the same exact thing that happened with the Summit show, which was right. when we did that third show, and the space was double booked, and and then at first we were panicking, thinking, oh no, we booked the space, and now they've double booked it with the New York Comedy Festival, right. and then no audience members showed up. Right, and we had had Kevin Hines and Sylvia both show up to be our guests, and we had to tell them like, "There's no show because we don't look the venue, but there's also no one." Like we spent about ten minutes panicking at all the people we would have to tell to be like, "Sorry, there's no show." And then we were like, "I was like, guys, we got a bigger problem. Nobody showed up to our show." And I feel like that's happened a number of times where like something fizzles to the point where you're just like, "Well, I guess we gotta close down the barn." You know, it's just like. The bank owns the barn, sort of. I'm trying to think of what things are in my life that have fizzled to the point where it's like, all right, it's just not going to happen. And in some ways it's sad, but in some ways it's also like, well, it's better than if five people showed up, in a way, because you're just like, oh, it's definitive, you know? Uh, had basketball teams disappear like that? Yeah. Or just like, people are like, I can't do it this summer, I can't do it this summer. And then it's like one person that's like, I'm in, and then it's like, can't do it. Is the end. The reason that I brought it up was because I posted that just thinking like, oh, this is an interesting memory. I haven't right. thought about it since 2013 or whenever right. it would have happened. And then... Then nobody liked it? No. Uh, no, it actually got a lot of people like, I've never seen this one right. and like all this stuff. But then Gethard commented on it and he's like, uh, about how sad it made him to read it. And I was not posting it meaning like, the show let us sound. It was just like, oh, this one didn't work because we were too, we were too long away from the show to be like a, to, we were like a, a deadbeat dad in some respects. So we were like, the kids don't know us anymore. It's not our, we don't live here. Right. Um, 
But then Gethard was like, and, I, and I'm assuming this is like Gethard at that point, like alone over in Edinburgh at the beginning, right. of, and was like, uh, he felt bad reading. I was like, you have no reason to feel bad. Like you gave us the right. this forum to do these like fun things that we really enjoyed doing, and uh, and then he was like, no, we should have had your back more. And I'm like, no, it really wouldn't have been, like no amount of like pushing would have made the audience right. suddenly different. For the thing, you know, but it is interesting. Like between that, and looking back at that, and then all the big parentheses, like um, thread. The parentheses thread was so interesting. Yeah, parentheses for listeners. Although it was interesting, the person who commented on thread about how they mostly know about parentheses from listening to this podcast. I know. I thought that was funny. I thought that was very interesting. But the funny thing about it is that I like there. W- there is a certain aspect of like. The legend continues, you know what I mean? The legend yeah, yeah. grows. But also, it was some really cool stuff. Yeah. And I think at the time... Parentheses being a class that JD and I were in, really, at the, the early days of our being friends. Yeah, it was like the starting point of a lot of yeah. the comedy world that is now the Get Their Show and things like that. It is interesting how much of a... It is it is interesting how like even now people who look back at parentheses are like oh wow like look at all these gathered connections but I think five years from now people will be like like the way that people look back at certain periods like UCB and they're like right. look at all the people who are there five years from now I think people will look at parentheses and be like oh fuck what that was, was that class was that the did you guys do I'm too proud of this after that um, I feel like we started that before, but I, I think could you did be too wrong. because I think maybe that was part of your submission. It wasn't part of our submission, but I think we may have done like the first couple of episodes before that because I'm too fragile for this. I know a big part of it was that Mudon was not on any house teams, right? And it was sort of like to give her something. Let's just make something, you know. Um, but like, I do feel like. Uh, five years from now, people because already if you yes already you can like do a lot of like spotting like oh these people and these people and these people in this and this and this. But I feel like five years from now it's gonna be like oh you know that TV show this person and this person were in that or like the guy who wrote that book that's this person you know right um, yeah I think that was starting point of all that I think it's interesting to look at that thread though. Because I think it was so present in the community, that class, that I think people were like, ugh, parentheses. Yeah. Because we were so secretive and this and that. But then, we were secretive, but also, like, very also, proud. And also, like, almost everybody who was on, uh, like, when the Herald auditions right. occurred halfway through parentheses, and a bunch of parentheses people got cut from teams, but no one from parentheses made it onto a new team. And that very much felt like a. Uh, that felt like a fuck you to parentheses at the right. time. It felt like, even though a few months later a bunch of people would get on teams and, it, right. and the, the influence, of it, but during the class that felt like a very. Do you remember? That almost felt like that feels like a Friday Night Lights sort of plot line where it's like. Yeah. Uh, Everybody got cut. And there was that parentheses we had to talk about it. Yeah. Do you remember the day where everyone posted the parentheses logo just like we like all on yeah. our social media and then other people started ironically doing it yeah as like a fuck you yeah so then it's 
it's just interesting now for me to see, yeah, now that time has gone by and all that remains of it is the yeah. good memories and stuff like that. It's like, oh, it was cool. Not that there are any bad memories, but like... No, but there was some lingering like, energy of like, what is this? Right, time heals that. Because now that you see what it was, and that it was like, oh yeah, good did come from it. Or, or, like, or like us getting yelled at by the theater. You know what I mean? Yeah. For things that now we look back on, it's like, oh, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I need to go. I'm going to use the bathroom real quick. All right, I'll keep talking. Um, or you can just hide a mic in their conversation. Yeah. Oh boy, okay, so JD is gone, so it's just me here, and um, I am tired, you know, I'm really like, um, it's crowded now, people are on break from classes, but I, what have I been doing lately? Ever since I got back from Washington, D.C., I feel like I've been... uh, in a weird kind of limbo. Man, this, these people are loud. I apologize for how loud everybody is. Um, I, I've been trying to plan for a couple of things. Plan for a couple of... Hi there, sorry, recording. <laughs> uh, trying to plan for a couple of things as far as like... Um, maybe writing some stuff or... Uh, developing a few things but nothing that has any like uh, it all feels very uh, nebulous in terms of whether or not it will actually any of the stuff that I'm thinking of is stuff that I'm going to actually get done or whether it's just part of a creative process where like I come up with five ideas and then try to pitch them to people but I'm also kind of okay with that. Like, weirdly, weirdly okay with, um, I don't feel a tremendous sense of loss. I don't know whether I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, I wrote a novel back in like 2007, I think. 2007, 2008, I wrote this novel. And I never got it published. And I'm not even sure, I'm sure I have the file of it somewhere, but it's not something, like I, I did try to get it published and it got rejected from the places I sent it to. And so I kind of was like, well, I'm glad I wrote that, but I don't need anybody to read this. Like the process of writing it was satisfying to me. And I don't really care if anybody ever reads it now. Like I don't think I would even give it to someone to read now like I I I think I actively would do everything in my power to prevent someone from reading it now and the weird thing about that is that I don't know whether that feeling is also makes me less productive because I know I'm okay with stuff not going anywhere it is a little cold in here do you want to get dinner soon? Sure, yeah. Where do you want to go? I don't know. I'm hungry, though. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess it's 8.30. Where would you want to get dinner? I'll go wherever you want. Uh, Is there someplace you'd like? I'm not tremendously hungry. You're not tremendously hungry. 
So I can make do getting something to drink somewhere. Cause you want to go walk down to like Kobayaki? Where's that? It's down Brook of the Theater. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what we could do? What? Let's go get dinner and then go walk the High Line. Yeah, that's good. So the second part of our thing probably won't happen, you're thinking, right? Um, man, will that ever happen? seems really into it, but then I got... Should I today. try? No, no, no. He's one of my close friends. I think it's just schedule stuff. Yeah. I think it's more something that he... Not in a bad way, but feels obligated to do more than something that he... I don't care about that. I don't want it to happen. I know, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How are you doing, Adam? Sorry, I was monologuing before recording the podcast right now. So, so uh, we are taking off. How's it been? How's your, uh, how's your summer been? More busy than anything else. Just sitting in front of my computer and either typing or editing, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pretty good. Uh, today we've just been recording this podcast, so we'll be doing this until like 2 a.m. So, because uh, we got a late start, so we're now, we started around 2, it's 8.30 now, so we're, we're past the halfway point, right? Is it like a solid 12 hours? Or? Yeah, solid 12 hours. Hi, Achilles. How you doing? Hey, Achilles. Um, what, how many hours has this been now? So it's been six and a half hours. So that I means the great thing about it is once we hit that halfway point, the time goes faster. Like now, there's only five and a half hours left in the podcast. That seems like nothing. Yeah. Right? I'd always assume that when you did these 12 hour podcasts, that they were like live 12 hours, like nonstop. Well, no, that's what this is. Yeah. But there's a break right now. No, not at all. I'm recording. You're recording this right now? Yeah. Yeah. This is part of it. Uh, yeah, they're confused. JD's not talking because he's getting the gear together. Hello. But he's also you? aware that I'm talking, so... Um, yeah. Are you in class right now? Who's class? Achilles. Oh, great. Great. That's why I see Achilles wandering around. Yes. Yeah. Oh, great. That's fun. That's fun. Well, we've just been hanging out and charging our machine while we do it. And now we're going to go get something to eat, and then I'm going to go do cage match, and then we'll, after cage match, we only have like an hour or two left to record. Yeah. Uh, we haven't decided whether we, he's going to try to plug into the board. I won't include all of cage match. It would just be the stepfather's part of it. But it might also be if there's someone interesting in the green room that JD will just talk to them, or we'll just play it by ear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll try. I mean, if we don't knock him dead... Then we don't have to do it next week. So, yeah, it's win, 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 win. Um, have a good in-class show. Is it any chance? Do you have an idea Sunday? I don't know yet because it's my birthday weekend. So that's the main thing I don't know about is I don't know how I have late night tonight, a late night Friday night, and an early morning Saturday. So I'm not sure what my Sunday is going to be. Yeah, I will know. I think by Saturday. But that might be too late. Yeah, that might be a little too late. I'm gonna then well, go ahead and say for now, like if you have other things, go ahead and do them because I my gut is that I will be tired on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Maybe if there's like, a little rum and cake. 
I mean, I need to avoid cake. Okay. So cake in some ways might be a deterrent. Like, um, like uh, ribs? <laughs> no, I don't think ribs are the answer to my problems either. Yeah, okay. yeah. I saw your stepfather show this week. Oh, I'm actually the, the asshole who's going to the seven course dinner. Oh, I'm that's right. Yeah. The, now, what's it called? It was the seven co- course uh, dessert, dessert tasting. tasting. That's dessert what it tasting, was. Yeah. Uh, the uh, oh, that was a brutal show. It was good, but it was like that was a. a I mean, brutal in the sense of, like, we really went crazy uh, using your suggestion. Yeah, I didn't uh, feel, like, persecuted. Good. Maybe I asked for it. Good. I no, I feel like sometimes after the show, I will, because I tend to forget that we do that second. I tend to forget that the people that we get the suggestion from that we're taking with our lives. And then after the show, sometimes we're like, ooh, boy, like, we went to some really dark places. I hope people didn't think, I hope people didn't thank you. I hope people didn't think that we were doing trying to do a literal version of it because we tend to go to a different place. Right. Sure. Um, sure. The uh, but that was a very fun one to do. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, how was the dessert tasting? It was good. It was good. Um, very pretentious. Um, uh, they do it by decade, so there was like an 1860s dessert, a 1920s. What decade did you like best? Uh, the 1860s was actually fun. They give you like a tin pan. And it's covered in dirt, but the dirt is like uh, hazelnut and coffee. Ooh. And what you do is you actually sift, and as you sift the chocolate and the coffee beans out, it leaves you with these two caramel truffles. So it's, it's like panning for gold. Pretty That's nice. The, the funniest one was the 1990s one. They actually, they build a mock-up Apple Macintosh computer because the theme is like tech startups. Yeah. And they bring it over your table, and they give you a, a three-and-a-half-inch floppy, if you uh-huh. remember these things. Yeah. I've got your name on it, and you stick your, your disc in the fake computer, and it spits out your sassafras waffle cookie. Ooh. So this is what we're dealing this is with. It's complicated. Pretty, it's very, like, chef-y. It's very uh, uh, presentational. It very much. It's like an art installation as much as anything. It is. You can tell they sat around, and their chef brains were like, how can we get ridiculous with these desserts, and how yeah. can we present them decades? Well, I'm glad it was good. Yeah, it was. Did you end up going with her or with someone else? I want I someone else. <laughs> so you are not unjustified in your... And the community is like, wait, wait, you came with her, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. But apparently she's not too mad because she's Test. in that room because uh, Achilles uh, invited a crowd, so she came to watch me do a crowd. Oh, that's great. She's not only... That's great. But well, anyway, thanks for giving me. It was a good suggestion. No, you guys did awesome. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. What's your name again? I'm Nick, by the way. Nick, I'm Connor. Good to meet you, Nice Connor. to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Here, can you hold this for two seconds? Yeah. Just right, right there. Yeah. Sorry. Hello. How are you doing? How are you? I just had so many straps and. Can you? Um, okay. Do you have a picture of your team? I was about here? to say that. Do you want to look I for don't it? think so. Let's look. Well, they're not all up. There, it's been a point of controversy that like there's yeah, sure. oh I guess hey, actually did make it onto one um, they've added some new ones in recent years so you might be but, the, but there they are be, it's a, it'd be a bummer I bet neither I, don't, I bet none of my teams are Hey, sorry, my elbow is. Hey, that's okay. Oh, good. good. So talking to each other quite far away. How are you? 
Caroline, I have bad news. What? Well, you may have heard that the Terry Withers mysteries is ending. Hey, really? Yeah, Terry's yeah, moving to Baltimore. Good man, long time no see. Which means hey, good. I've been keeping up with all the baby pictures. Oh, great. I mean, there's lots of them. When is it? When is it? The last one is this Friday. We're mid-podcast. I mean the second, Friday the second. So a week from tomorrow. How far yeah. into it? You're like six hours? Or? Yeah, we're about six six hours. Yeah. Six and a half hours. What's been the highlight it's, so far? Is that weird to talk about? a real bummer because what, what do you think the highlight of what, what's we so can't just bring you back. Well, we may can happen if you're available on the second. Like there might be something. What have you done today? And we'll recap it. But the people listening, they just heard it all. So we recap it But we can't do the long arc that we had planned because it's just going away. John Flansburg from the Happy Giants. But I'll talk to you via email. Listener of the podcast and he took us out to lunch. And then... Um, which was fun and then we've just been wandering around we came here we we tend towards places where we know we have outlets and like somewhere we can like loiter for a long time yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. cool but yeah so you have six more hours to go five and a half right wait but what time is it now so you're gonna be up till three two uh yeah we're done at like two we started late today but I feel like once cage match is over we can like take our time getting home from cage match I also think we can end early. Our 12th episode should be less than 12 hours. And do private time. Because I think private time has been such an integral fa- This is our is 12th that when episode. You talk by yourselves? No, pri- yeah. yeah, private time is whenever there's been a technical glitch. Right. And yeah. we need to fill up some time. We will just record some extra stuff. See, I don't think, I think, pri- can I say what my opinion yeah. on this is? I think private time is if there's a mistake, but if you guys start to rely on I private agree with time, Gavin. Gavin, hey Gavin, chill, man. (laughs) I agree. That's my that's my thought. I agree. I think private time is is for mistakes. Uh Okay. But if you start deliberately making mistakes, you're no better than you know better than those people that do one hour podcasts and think they did a long time. Right. Are you guys in cage match? Stepfathers. Yeah. Okay. So Uh, are you going to keep the mic on while we do it? No, I might. uh, Whereas, do you just do like sometimes? Like, I might go call friends and interview people via the phone. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it'd be, there would be something cool, I feel like, about having you keep the mic on and just letting people experience what it's like just uh, to hear you in an improv set. Just one. Just me in an improv set? Yeah. Hey, I'm a doctor. <laughs> um. And then just hey, the moment, hey, man. Yeah. Just the moment's like. <sighs> just me on the back line. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. I hope you. Have I think you had a good influence on this podcast because JD was going to make us. I think I had a bad one because all I did 11. was ask JD to recap what you've done so far and then like criticized your. No, no, plan. but we might have done an eleven-hour episode, uh-huh. but now I think there's no chance because I know now it's been called out because uh-huh. I think JD's too proud. He would never let that happen. All I know is this: if you're going to say that you do a twelve-hour podcast, <laughs> you got to do a twelve-hour podcast. Also, I'll say one of my favorite things in comedy is Gavin Spieler going, all I know is this. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me. Yeah. That means I'm going to straight man or something. <laughs> <laughs> the indication file. Yeah. Hold on. All right, See bye, Gavin. Gavin. All right, we're halfway through the picture tour. I mean, we're going backwards in time now. Are we? Yeah, Tantrum, Ice Nine. Yeah, I think you're right. Neutrino. Uh, Lighthouse. Hey! Hey. What happened?
happened? Bethany Hall. I just appeared. Bethany. She's allowed to be in multiple places. I think this might be one of the first times we ever had someone in the early part of the episode, and then we just run into them. A double guest. Six hours later. Straight from Freckles and Company. Great, right, right yeah. from Freckles and Company. Yeah. On the 107th floor. So now can I hear how your day has been? Yeah, yeah it's been good. Um, we. Second recap. We just did a recap. Oh, we, no. Sorry. No. We, hey, listeners, get ready. If you really hate it, skip ahead. 60 seconds. We got lunch uh, with a friend and then came here. It feels like that's less than what we've done. But it isn't. But it isn't. That's exactly that's what we've done. all you've done? Yeah. yeah. Do you know all the things I've done since I saw you last night? No. no. I, I finished a lot of work. I packed up my whole desk. I went out to lunch. Or I went out to have a barbecue on the deck on the deck uh, we have an electric grill now Ooh, on the um, floor I drank two glasses of wine mm-hmm. I came to class it's, I'm taking a class what class Gavin Spieler advanced study herald so talk to Gavin oh gosh I love it that's great you're getting back into improv yeah that's exciting I really like it it's fun secret that's Use great flash. it's so fun I love it all right, well, I better get back to class. All right. Have your class. Good to see you, Bethany. Oh, I miss you guys. Well, we'll probably learn you again before the podcast is over. Rule of threes. All right. See you. Right. See you, Bethany. Wait, very good kiss. American cousin. That means creature should be here. What? Did they just skip it? I don't know. Because these were all... These were after. That wasn't. That's out of order. There's Dybbuk. We were right after Dybbuk and Capture. Yeah, we were the ones right after that. Well, oh, I, know, I know it's been an ongoing point of controversy. History's being rewritten. I know it's been an ongoing point of controversy with so many of the teams aren't out. Right. How are you? Good, good to see you. Long time no see. I know. I was trying to follow your uh, bachelorette, see how that all went. No, it went. It was great. I learned a lot. <laughs> that's a different. That's a diplomatic way of saying you're not currently dating whoever won it. We did go on a few dates. Okay. Okay. Now you know what it's like to be in the public spotlight. I know. It, I really felt like a, I owed people updates on our relationship. Yeah. How are you doing? Doing good. We're in the middle of our 12-hour day podcast. So you're, you're currently on the podcast. Oh, great. Oh, great. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. JD, my battery started to flash. Okay. Well, I'll put new batteries in right now then. All right. Is now yeah. okay, going to ask you anything? Yeah. Because he's going to ask you if my magician friend ever emailed you. I guess not. No, I don't think so. Okay. I told him to. Yeah. And if he did, I don't remember. But I think I would have remembered. I think so, too. I think I would have remembered. I think you would. <laughs> but things are good with you? Yeah. How are you? Good. Are you in LA a lot now? Back and forth for work stuff. Yeah. But here. Yeah. Here. Yes. Cool. Never going to move there. That's a promise. I promise to never move there. I'm not a big LA fan, personally. What's that? Ever since what? Yeah, about me? Yeah. Wait, what? Ever since that girl left you for fun. 
Uh oh, that'll have to that, that'll have to get bleeped. Well, that's a. You, the, uh, uh, I can't believe that was just bleeped. Yeah, pod, podcast audience, you just that just jumped ahead. That would be a great moment. This would be right a great moment. That's a great moment in this podcast so far. Because you're gonna because what they literally will just have heard is like ever since that. <laughs> and then us just talking about it, yeah. and no one will know. What a well, fantastic moment. Also, the lead-up of you going, can I say something personal? And I'm like, what? And you're like, about you. And I was like, okay. Sure, I'm an open book. Anything. And then just cut to it. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Listen, that to say that that didn't color my perception of L.A. would be a lie. Yeah, I mean... That's a bummer, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's someone better out there who will. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done on this topic. I appreciate it, though. Yeah, this is the part of the podcast where you give me, like, what kind of shirt? sage advice about relationships. All those shirts? Yeah. Some of those shirts? You just held, you just held a uh, those shirts? competition. Those shirts? How was that? Was that weird? The pride one's soft. Have you broken shirt? up with people before? Well, I guess you didn't have to really, but like those hardware things, like, you have to break. Yeah. You basically have Ugh. to like. That sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, break up with people be, really I quickly, which probably is more jarring than I wash Real soft. Black ones too dark. Yeah, that's a lot. That's the softest. And we're doing another one. I don't need one right okay. now. Do you feel like... Yeah, but so is he, so this is okay. going to be a cacophony. Do you, you know? feel like... Oh, it's the 12-hour day podcast. So it's not just me talking. Yeah, JD and I do a do podcast. Like Every episode is 12 hours days. long. And we're uh, six hours, 45 minutes into this one. Were there people that... Was it like so, a mixture of people that like not maybe much left. really had a thing for you, then this was an opportunity to test the waters? It's real. Google 12-hour day. Google it right now and see what comes up. And so I did kind of at the end. Don't have one. Yeah, if so sure came up. Is that the, were we the first thing? <laughs> yeah, so I think there were like a few people there who were legitimate. Yeah, is that all right? Yeah, go on and date with. What's your, what's your name? I'm Ariel. Hi, Ariel. I'm Connor. And then I think the rest were like, Eliza. Yeah. Eliza, nice to meet you. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Thanks for answering my t-shirt questions. filters? Were you like... It's a bit, 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 it's a bit nothing. Or were you like, were you uncomfortable figuring out where the line was? Can I feel one of the pride um, shirts and see what it feels like? Those ones look so comfortable. Well, it's like, yeah, because like if you're like, oh, I was trying to go into Honest, then yeah, they like, sold if out. you thought that they were doing more as a bit, you'd get rid of Oh, that's what you mean. Because it was Pride Weekend. Yeah, I did yeah. end up doing it a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that's kind of what I retreated on because... Yeah, that's pretty good. Ran, we ran two hours long. And we How much are those? Show. Oh, wow. And so 20. my actual time to decide on yep. people was... I might get one another day, I think. Right. ...at a time. Um, oh, you seem hurt. ...because we show stuff as no. we could. No. So I did rely on uh, kind of going to people I knew who were actually... I'm not, I don't know whether I want one today, but the so next time I'm in here, I might. But they might not be here next time. Yeah? yeah? A time. That must okay. be complicated. Yeah. Did that All make right. any... Thanks, Ariel. With people awkward going nah, forward? No. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be no, my nightmare. Yeah. I don't think I could do a show like that. Yeah. I think, I think I'm like a pretty good temperament for that kind of show. Do you hear about the show that she did? What show? I did a live bachelorette show for myself. 
Have you guys met? Also, 12 people. Yeah. yeah. We met. Okay, 12 people uh, competed sure to go on a date with me. I did hear about this. Yeah. Yeah. How'd it go? Pretty good. Yeah. I was saying it'd be my nightmare. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. More my nightmare than your nightmare. Yes, yeah, so it'd be absolutely your nightmare. Yeah. It'd be a lot of people's nightmares. Yeah. yeah. Although, I'll do pretty much anything in the context of a show. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing is, I think if I start thinking of it in terms of it being a show, yeah. then I actually wouldn't be my nightmare. Yeah. I've done worse than that. Yeah. If it was someone else's show, like if it was if it was like going on a show like that, that would be a nightmare. But I think if I was like win a date with Connor Ratliff the show, then I think I'd click into something else that doesn't have to do with me. Right. Yeah. It's me, not right. me. And my main like goal was to try not to click into that something else. And yeah. I was very afraid of doing that because I kept trying to revert to it. And I fell somewhere right. in the middle. Well, you more you mean you wanted it to be more show mode I than... I wanted it to be more honest mode. More honest mode, so yeah. more the real spectrum. Yeah. And, and it, met, it fell somewhere in between? Somewhere in between. It fell more towards show mode. Mm. Yeah. But you got to try. Otherwise. You got to try. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I got to kiss every single person. Hey, that's not so bad. That was one of our challenges. That was fun. Was there a... Uh, a vast disparity in the, the quality of the kissing? I feel like Was kissing, it a wide spectrum? I feel like kissing is so context-driven that I feel like yeah. you can't even judge. The, there's yeah. no objective quality yes. of kissing. Yeah. It's like a good kiss is usually because of the context and right. not the like specifics. Yeah. Unless someone does something like way weird. That's a really good point. Yeah, because it was a show. Because it was because a show, it was not good, and there was no pressure in a sense. Uh, there were and there like were no bad kissers, and I very clearly stated before it started that I did not want Tom. Right. So I think that makes helps. a difference. Yeah, that yeah. makes a difference. But there probably were like a couple people who were like, "Whoa," you know. Right. So that would be the disparity Wait, from like good to like okay. Okay. Yeah. You Interesting. Know. Yes. Interesting. This is such a weird, that's an interesting process. Because I, something that people may not know about me is I obsessively watch The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise. I know that about you. Yeah? I watch I all of it. I just started watching, which oh. is why I did this. Oh, I, I love like, oh, it. I want to do that. Yeah? I love it. Because I think it's, it's insane. And it, to me, it's like this thing that I can't help but watch because it's so interesting. Not only to be like the people that are on it, like, why are you doing this? But also the people who make the show to look at that and be like why are you doing this to these people and why do you think this so then to make it real to do it yourself is yeah. very interesting to me yeah I learned yeah it, it, yeah <laughs> so many I could talk about this forever I guess it's a 12 hour podcast so yeah. yeah there's no there's no cut off there's no way you don't, literally, you don't need it to be entertaining literally if you talked about it for two hours I'd be like I gotta get to cage match but that would be it that's the next yeah, yeah. Um, to watch Unreal I don't. I've heard it's good, though. Yeah, it's by an old producer. I've also heard that You're the One is good. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I think it's all good. You want to um, want me to add you to the Bachelor Bachelor in Paradise discussion on Facebook? Yeah, 100% okay. I do. All right. Yeah, I started watching it because I, I think my present. Weird. I think my presence will make people uncomfortable. Why? I don't know. I feel like people don't think that I'd be the type of person that would be into no, the Bachelor and Bachelor. No, Okay. <laughs> I started watching it because people like write about it and tell me about it and it's become part of our culture and like I was like alright a lot of smart people watch this and dissect it so you know I'm going to give this a shot and yeah I have a theory that 
the people that watch that show are the people that like people are always like, oh, this show's for idiots. I think that's true. But I think there's also like this like slice of people who I are people that I really respect and I think are very smart who watch the show. So I think it plays on these two levels, like this meta level of like no, this is real, and this is weird, and this is like a sad, bizarre reflection. Like, there's a lot of interesting things at play here, and then there's yeah. the level of like, oh, that guy sucks. That like, yeah, casual TV yeah. fans can watch as well. I started feeling that way about reality TV, and I can't remember if this is even remembered correctly or right. But when I found out that Anthony and Tim watched like a lot of reality TV, right, like years ago, right, and I was like, oh, people watch this in a totally different way than I didn't realize. Yeah. Because I get obsessed with all the shows. Yeah. Even though it's like, I don't like them for what they think the quality is, I think. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm the intended demographic, but I take it in just the same. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, also they'll take their viewers just Exactly. The same. Exactly. So, yeah. I don't get obsessed with it. I like to lose track of things very easily and fall into my own world and then come back up and watch Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel the same way. I'm glad we ran into each other. Yes. Likewise. I'll have to remember to censor that one thing. Yeah, yeah. Censor that one thing. And I'm going to add you to that group. Okay. That sounds good. And any listeners, if you want to join into the uh, season two of uh, the Bachelorette experience, I'm sure there's going to be another stage show. Do you want to give you a date? What's that? We have listeners. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mike Cavanaugh is our bachelor. What's that? Mike Cavanaugh is our bachelor. Oh, wait. You're really doing it again? Oh, I did that as a bit. Nope. I was like, can I give you the Wait, list? what is the date? Uh, it's September 9th at 9 p.m. September 9th at 9 p.m. Yeah, let's go out by then. Uh, now it will. It will now, I guess. But not everyone will get to hour six of yeah. the podcast by then. I don't think this you're going to get like many that, people. What is it, MSMR or whatever? Like ASMR? ASMR. Yes, yeah, it's very similar. Do people just like listen to Some people do, but that, it's, not recorded yeah. with, it's not recorded with any of those methods or techniques, though. <laughs> like, they're going to so sleep soothing. with, all, like, falling asleep here in the training center right now. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, maybe maybe you'll get, like, a person. Yeah. Perfect. That works out. Yeah. It'll be a person who listened to all 12 hours of a 12-hour podcast on like, the day it came out. Yeah. yeah. That could work. Who's that person? And went yeah. right to your show. They went right to your show. Um, I would say if you're that person at the show, just try to really clap loud and give them woo. Yeah. So if you hear any woos, you'll know that's someone from this podcast. Yeah. yeah. So this is hour six. Yeah. Yeah. So an hour of the podcast be cage match? Part of it. Part of it will probably. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think so. It's good to see you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Can you check your battery? Yeah, it looks good. Did it? It might look bad soon. Why? Because I don't know if it's an old battery. Well, it is at full battery right now. Well, I'll keep an eye on it. Uh, yeah, just keep an eye on it. You didn't have new batteries? You just had old well, batteries? I, you didn't, mix them I didn't buy new lithium batteries yet. Oh, right. So it won't be as strong as the last one, maybe. I don't know, though. So, I, like, basically what I'm saying is, like, I don't know if it's... We don't know. I don't know what's an old battery and what's Everything else battery. technically is checking out so far? Yeah, let me listen. Test, 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 JD. Yeah, test, 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 Connor. This is JD, JD, JD. Okay. Hey, JD. Good, we have to play something soon. It's been too long. What's that? I haven't played Overwatch, so I only have a Mac laptop. Yeah. But there's some other game we've all been emailing about you should play. I don't know. They've been emailing about it, and I don't know what it is. 
Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. But I've been playing Heroes again. Really? I, I hadn't picked up a long time. I got really good at it, and then it, I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. But in like a week or two, like, if you want to play, you, I can get back in. I got some, I've got some skills now. Great. Well, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see your I'll talk to you soon. Yep. <sighs> um, but uh, it will feel very weird. There's a part of me that was like, I feel very weird at the moment because there's a part of me that feels like um, Terry Withers' Mysteries is ending. Yeah. There's another part of me that is not sure whether I'm going to keep doing George Lucas talk show or not. Just because it's a lot of work? Uh, just because, like, I may have run out of people to book on it, sort of, you know, that, like, it's, like, I have zero guests booked for next week. Right. And part of it is that I, you know, I did it beginning of July. I did one in D.C., and I did one in LA, then I did the UCB show the next night. Right. Where I did two shows hosting as Lucas. Then I did, because I'd given up my, my regular slot, I was like, Shane was like, do you want to do a seven o'clock one at the Beast? I was like, yeah, sure. But so by the time we get to the 2nd of September, I will have done this like almost the equivalent of, that's like one, two, three, four, five, six seven shows since the beginning of July. Right. And mo with the exception of the UCB show ones, um, five of those are shows I've had to like book guests for. Right. And I've had good guests for all of them, but now I'm at the point where I'm like, who else do I ask? You know, like, what do I... Right. What it am I doing? It's less of a comedy experiment more an experiment in booking yeah and like the comedy stuff isn't get you excited anymore. oh my god it's so funny what this used to be like a greasy spoon diner and now they've turned it into like a fine dining restaurant but it has the architecture is the same to me so it just looks oh, right, like oh right yeah funny yeah um but like there's a part of me that's like I wanted to do, it's Labor Day again, so I wanted to try to do my Lucas Labor Day thing that I did last year where I try to get anybody who works for, for Lucas or for a Lucas-adjacent project or something. Right. And I had a good one last year, but I sort of, like, don't know that I have time, because it's also in that time... That was when Tom came out, right? Or no? Um, Tom Bell. No, no, that wasn't. No, I I did that one in England with him. Tom oh, right. only. Tom came out for Terry Withers. Right, right, that was right, when I right, had right. the guy from ELM, uh, from ILM, and Juan who designed a video game, and then somebody else uh, who designed a Lucas video game for a project, and then a third right. person I can't remember offhand. Um, my good friend but, from growing up. What? My good friend from growing up was a composer at Skywalker Sound. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you live in New York? No, he's in L.A. Uh, everybody's in L.A. Everybody that I need for the show is in L.A. Um, but, like, there's a part of me that's like, ugh, maybe I'll just show up and then 
start bringing audience members up and interviewing them uh, as Lucas and like trying to f- ask what they do for their life and try to figure out how it connects to George Lucas. Right. Maybe I could do that once for a show. But it's also a thing of like, when I was doing the show with Distin, it felt more like, uh, well, oh, we're both, team, we're, yeah. we're a team as opposed to just me up there. Because uh, also for this week, like, Kotnar's not even in town yet. Right. So, uh, I do, I'm, I'm truly alone in terms of running the show. Right. Uh, and it's like, there's an element of, because also in addition to all those Luga shows, trying to book two Terry Withers mysteries kind of close together. Yeah. And especially with the last one being a final one. Uh, I'm sort of frazzled right now in terms of like, I feel like I'm doing the same thing. And every time I finish doing it, I have to do it for the next thing. Because right. even like the last Terry Withers is a week from tomorrow, the same night as I'm doing George Lucas talk show. So I'm doing that stepfathers. Right. And so it's going to be like, an exhausting night uh, and I could easily see that's another reason why it would be maybe a good thing if I don't win cage match tonight uh, the uh, just to get enough sleep so that I'm okay on Friday next week right um, but but you don't have stuff to do during the day really do you no uh, but Having said that, I'll probably end up getting some stupid commercial audition that'll mean that I have to, like, take two trips into the city. Right. Like then it, like, AM, massacres yeah. my whole day. Man, I get so annoyed when I... Like, I had a couple of commercial auditions this week, and one of them was fine, like, in terms of, like, oh, yeah, it's good that I went for this. But the other one was, like, for this flight... It, the commercial was, like, the national commercial. Yeah. A mother calling on the phone and, and uh, two guys are out fly fishing and one of the guy's phone goes off and it goes to speaker right. when he tries to hang it up and it's like embarrassing in front of his other right. fly fishing friend. And on the breakdown, there were two different things and it said, one of them said, uh, male fly fisher looking for someone with experience. And the description was like, we want someone who's funny, we want, but subtle able to fly fish, able to do this, able to do that. And then there was another description that was like, the exact same description, but like, no fly fishing experience needed. Right. And it was clear that there, there wasn't a part in the commercial for an inexperienced fly fisher. That was just their way of getting more people in. Right. And not having fly fishing experience be the deal breaker. Right. But it was also so clear from the way the audition was going that it was like they have plenty of people with fly fishing experience that they're not going to have to go with someone who doesn't have it. Fly fishing is actually not that hard also. Yeah, but it's also like... I bet you'd enjoy fly fishing. I probably would, but I also know if you're on a commercial shoot, you don't want to be teaching me how to do it naturally. Right. If you could be working with two guys who can stand there and authentically do it easily. Uh, But the point is it was like clearly kind of a waste of like, that was where I ran into Adam Wade. I'm like, this commercial audition is clearly a waste of our time. Right. Because in both the first day and the callback, 
I was paired with a guy, and they were like, do you fly fishing? I was like, yeah, actually, I do. And the guy did perf- both guys did perfectly good auditions for, like, a non-speaking part in a yeah, exactly. commercial. And I'm like, this ruined two of my days. And it was right. a thing where it's like, if I had known what this was before I went into it, I think I would have just been like, yeah, I don't need to audition for this. It's not going to go to me. Yeah, exactly. Like, the... Uh, but no, I am in a, a weird a weird mode in terms of feeling like everything that I've that I'm currently kind of involved in could just sort of end. You know? That like uh, I could easily see getting to like a month or two from now and being like, yeah, I'm not gonna do George Lucas talk shit anymore because uh, I just don't need to or whatever, you know, or like it's not, like I'm still enjoying doing it, but I'm so exhausted right now of doing it that, uh, it brings less joy to you than you would like. It's not even that so much. It's more just, I think I never would have thought, uh, it's, it's partly just, I think a reaction to Terry Withers ending that like, I enjoy Terry Withers so much that for it to end, it sort of has me looking around like. Okay, let's see, you know? The lights have sort of turned on? Yeah, it's a little bit like, okay, well, if this thing that was the most delightful project that I was involved in is suddenly just over, is the other stuff also maybe over? I don't know. Right. You know? Uh, Like, it's... It's also been interesting to observe, you know, Tamanek has had such a uh, uh, powerful year doing Trump stuff. Right. But I also see how, what an exhausting drain on him it is. Yeah. That like, there are so many elements of what he's involved in that are uh, infuriating. Uh that it is interesting how many aspects of this stuff that when you actually look at them they're very unpleasant up close you know yeah no I know exactly what you mean but Um, that's that's the difference between being a fan and being a professional right like liking comedy is one thing and I think what makes you professional is your ability to see the matrix see how it works see all the pain and put on all the work that is not fun yeah but realize that it's worth it and still get that kick out of it in some way yeah do you want to go to that Kobayaki place or do you want to go to a diner I'm not that hungry so if I'm going someplace I probably won't get that much so you should go based on what your hunger is Uh, let's go to a diner then um we'll go down to uh Malibu Trailer Park No the uh 20 23rd and 9th that place Railroad All right Um I Right we have time Yeah plenty of time Um
What do you think about 12-hour day? What do I think about it? Do you think we'll ever stop doing 12-hour day? I don't think so because, I mean, ultimately... I mean, it depends. The, the, I can imagine there becoming a point where it becomes difficult to, even more difficult to schedule one, depending on where we're at. Right, like we do like one once a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, or like once every two years we finally get together and do one. The... Um, Or that um, I can imagine that there'll be a point where we do one that is simply a 12-hour-long recorded phone call. No, we'll never do that. You don't think? No, because I think we would just wait until we were both. But what if we're like, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going. We're not going to be in the same city for uh, the next year because you're doing that immersive uh, cinema project. And that's you. Oh shoot! What happened? Uh, the battery fell out. Oh, it still gives power. Still gives power. Um, I need more, I need, like, two more compartments on this bag. Um, you can imagine that there would be a circumstance where we're like, how about if we just set aside 12 hours and you'll be where you are, and I'll be where I am. And uh, we have a 12-hour day, but in two different locations. I, I just feel like we wouldn't do that somehow. But we have to. And it's like a bottle episode. Maybe we would. You're in San Francisco. I'm in... Uh, Austin. And we're both have a day off in between other projects that we're working on I decide let's try one like this here's if we did that here's what I would do I would tell you to record like 12 hours of private time 4 hours of time just of yourself walking around that place I would do the same and then we'd be on the phone for like 4 hours together I feel like our friendship has progressed in uh, since we first started doing this podcast. I think so, yeah. Do you? I think so. I think we became actual friends. Ooh, look at this big bug. That's a cockroach. Con. Yeah, I know. Look how big he is, though. He's crazy. Oh, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Man. Connor was just dancing in a pile of cockroaches. Yeah, there. I mean, there's just a lot more than I usually see around. Yeah, there's actually a lot where we are right now. Yeah, there's like a ton of them. I don't usually notice. Happy Opus. birthday. Thank you. Yeah, You're on 12-hour day right now, Opus, I should yeah, tell I you. I'm very tired right now, yeah. Yeah. Yes, no, no, I mean, yes, we're, yes. we're oh. recording 12-hour day. Your, 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 
podcast. Yeah, yeah. now awesome. you're on our podcast. Hi, podcast. Hey, Ariel, how are you? This is Ariel. She's in nice the writers at I know hey, Ariel. I've had her on George nice Lucas Talk Show, well, and she's done ASCAP monologues. Yes, so we've been, we've been, We're all very tired as well, because I've been up since 5 o'clock, because we had a double show. A double show? Double taping of the show, and now we're about to go to improv. Wow. All right. But we didn't have to have people listening to us the entire time, so... How many hours has it been at this point? We're now at like, uh, we started at two, so we're at seven, seven hours. Yeah. a little over seven okay. hours. How are you hey. feeling? Feeling all right. I got to do some improv. Stepfathers are in cage match, so oh, okay. I got to do improv in a little bit. That's so maybe, maybe, maybe like this will be exciting. This will be like a little tease because we might see you when we leave and you're coming in. Is it the, the uh, Late Show Writers improv yeah. right now? Yeah. yeah. Have a great show. Thank you. We should you say something that pays off too. then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, uh, do you know what the only other... Uh, creature other than uh, humans that can get leprosy is? I don't. Tune in to find out, mother effers. No, you can say it. That's a fact. I got a fact. All right. Nice to run into you. Nice to meet you. Bye. Two very nice people. Ariel Dumas and Opus Moreski. Both writers on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, which airs Monday through Friday on CBS. That was a good plug. That's a great plug. But I feel like we've become... Plug central. Very much plug central. I was going to say, going back to the friendship thing, what is this noise now? Uh Uh-oh. Let me look at, check my batteries. Still strong. Although, those lithiums were strong for so long and then they died so quickly. Like it was at two bars the whole time. Well, I think what it is, actually, uh-huh. is that um, most battery reader things aren't built for lithium batteries, I oh, believe. Oh, okay. Like, for this recorder, you have to let it know if you're using whatever uh, nitro, nickel, whatever, battery or an alkaline battery. So my guess is that these lobs are also calibrated for alkaline batteries and yeah. not lithium but who knows oh. Oof. but I think we did we have become better friends I think we've become you've become one of my closest friends whereas I think when we started this podcast our friendship was more of a curiosity and we didn't yeah. know each other enough that it was fun to ask questions and get to know each other during the podcast Yeah. which is why I feel like not that our podcast is bad now in any way, but it's less it's bad now. It's less less good. Interesting for for a new listener. Yeah, because we're not learning new things about each other as much. Yeah. You know, in the early episodes, I feel like you and I learned a lot about each other. Sure. Yeah. Whereas now, I feel like we know things that we can't talk about. Yeah. Um. It also feels like, you know, we had the first meeting to plan Fear Bazaar this week, which is the UCB Halloween thing. And every year there is that feeling of, um, oh, half the shit that we want to do stuff about, we can't really. Or not that we want to do stuff about, but we were like, okay, what's going on this year? And every year it's like, oh, some of this is so horrible that there's not even a place for it in a nightmare comedy show where you're doing shocking things. Right. That, and it seems like that's been true of every year. And it is 
that's also a thing which is like there are always things going on but it's not always necessarily things that we want to talk about can i ask you a question sure yeah can you guys just trash bag the windows this year what do you mean you just always have the windows open so in the early shows it's daylight outside oh just put up trash bags over the window so it's dark the whole time yeah maybe and, and just a little bit of more art direction just yeah. some cobwebs and things like that nothing that's expensive or takes time but just make it look a little haunt, haunty uh, yeah we can try to do that part of it is that it's always been so few people actually running it that uh, but I bet if you put a team in charge of like if you ask got like one or two people and we're like who wants to be in charge of yeah production designing the show yeah here's 60 bucks yeah go to party city and get all right jd stretchy cobwebs and no need to hint any further would you be interested in production designing the show there's 60 dollars in it for you uh uh no here's 60 dollars jd would you go i mean what if just for one year you were given the job of production designing Fear Bazaar, and it was like, see what you can show us. Show us your best, Jay. Don't try to turn this into a challenge. Like, I'm just wondering. Like, it was, if it was clear, it was like, we're not going to ask you to do this again. Just one time. Just like, show us how it's done, and you got to put your all into being like the Terry Gilliam on Life of Brian. Yes. For one year, I could make it, even if I just sat down and wrote some plans out and told you what to do, I bet I could improve the visual quality. I know you could. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. It started as a bit, but now now I'm... Now it's pretty real. Now now. it's become real. Uh, Hi. Hello. Hi. Yes, please. Yeah. Want to be sit here? Yes, of course. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Um, but, no, I was just saying that in terms, though, of, like, every year there's some, like, when we look at, like, what the news is of the year, or, like, what's the general vibe of, like, current events or something like that. Right. There's always things that are, like, ugh, well, there's no... Good. How are you? Fine. You? Good. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look. I don't know yeah. yet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, when is Fear Bazaar? Uh, I think it's the last. It's the Thursday before Halloween. So uh, I'll be it's like the 27th. I'll be in post production. Is the only bummer. Post-production in New York? Yeah. But I could definitely... Be there on the day, maybe? Or write a... I could at least give you... Do this, this, and this. Yeah.
point where I don't know what I want to eat. You know, feeling when you're so hungry that you're just like, yeah, anything's good. Anything. menus now. We're in a diner, a rail line diner. And just deciding what we're going to get. That's all we're doing. Should I go a sandwich or breakfast? What are you hungry for, JD? <sighs> breakfast. I love breakfast. I love chocolate. That's a reference to a stuffed animal. Um, Pancakes or waffle? Um, pancakes. What do you think? Might be, might be too filling. Then waffles. Waffles? What if I told you you couldn't have pancakes? I would be okay with it. Then you want waffles. That's true. You know what I bought on eBay this week? What's that? Bought a bunch of lobby cards for Modern Romance, the Albert Brooks movie. Why? Because I didn't even know they made lobby cards that in that era. Like, right. I associate lobby cards. Hello. Do you know what you want, J.D.? Yeah. Can I get the uh, Belgian Waffle Deluxe? How do you like the Deluxe? Scrambled is great. Would you like something to drink? Oh, water is great for me. Thank you. Uh, and I'll have the Health Nut Smoothie. Is that good? Have you ever had that? Huh? Have you ever had that? Yeah, yeah it's good. good. All right. Thank you. Um... But I associate lobby cards as being something from when, like, a movie theater was more like a movie palace, right. and they would have like a display in the lobby for the movie that you were about to see or something. Stills from the Wizard of Oz or whatever, you know. Right. And yeah, and I was just like, I don't need these, but it is like my favorite movie, and it feels like a thing that's like, yeah, sure, I should have those. You do a lot of impulse purchases like that, I feel. Well, because sometimes it's like, this exists? Okay. Do you think you have, like, sort of a retail therapy thing? What do you mean? Because people that, like... like, feel like buying something, getting a new thing, it's like a... makes them feel good. And Well, it does make me feel good. I don't know that it's a... Uh... Like, if you've had a hard week, are you like... It'd be nice. Like, not even consciously, do you find yourself going, like, you know what, I'm going to get a... Modern romance lobby card. Probably. Like, I don't know whether 
it's interesting because thank you like I don't know that may be the case or it may just be that like is there a strong difference between that and just being something that I like doing uh yeah if you if, if it's it, filling a hole or something if it's a reaction to a mood you're in and it becomes a pattern I think then it's like I haven't I don't, and I don't think it's a bad thing I think it's a way to cope with it you know what I mean I haven't noticed it as a I mean I guess every now and then but when when it's like that I'll notice it overtly where it's like I'm having a bad day I'm gonna get this right but <clears throat> I wasn't having a bad day when I ordered these it wasn't right. like I was having a fine day and then I was like I saw these and I was like I like that movie enough if I sometimes I'll see something online I'll be like if I was on vacation and I went into a store and I saw these and they were this price, I would probably buy them. Right. And I'll kind of think of it in those terms that I'd be like, uh, and if it's not, if that's not the case, I'll be like, oh, I don't need that. Yeah, I find my thing is more like, I've picked a few things that I want to have. Yeah. Like if it has to do with Labyrinth, I want it. Yeah. And I have this thing where I'm like, if I see it and I'm like, if this disappeared, would I be like? Would uh, I be like? Ugh, I had. The that's chance. a big one for me. That is is. Uh, that's more of a weakness than anything. Which but is, I feel like your target for that is bigger than mine. Mine's a much narrower thing. Yeah, like a lot of times the idea of something being limited and I might not be able to get it later will increase its uh, value to me. Mostly because I know that I can't think of anything specific now, but I know I've let things pass that I assumed I could get, and then all of a sudden it's like, what? These are a hundred dollars now? Yeah. And it's not even something I want that much, but I'm like, I would have bought it for 20 Now it's like... Yeah. <clears throat> there was some movie that was like suddenly completely, totally out of print in a way that like all the copies of it were right. expensive. And I'm like, I would have bought that when it was its normal price. What happened? Like, right. Like I... Or like... Like, I want to get the complete Bloom County books. And I kind of have my eye on them to see if it looks like any of them might start going out of print because I don't need them. Right. But I would like to have them at some point. But the thing that would trigger me to suddenly buy them was if I, th if I thought... Thank you. Yeah. If I suddenly thought that they were all going to go out of print and they were suddenly like 50 bucks each, right. then I'd be like, fuck, I better get these before they're like 70 bucks each. Yeah. Um... Did you have you seen the Dark Crystal uh, Funkos that came out? I here's something that I find. Yeah. Uh, so growing up, my friends were all really into comic books. Yeah. And I got into a few comic books that I really liked the story of. Yeah. But most of them, I didn't find that interesting. But what I did really like is I liked a lot of the action figures. Mm -hmm. So I would get because that was right when they started doing movie action figures, and I was like, "This is so cool!" It's yeah. not like comic books; it's like just characters from movies. You get these little totems of yeah. movies that you like. But then, as I've grown up, I'm just not interested, especially in things like those, like Funko, like yeah. the, like almost like representative toys. Mm -hmm. They almost feel like avatars more than they are like yeah. things. I have almost no interest in them. Yeah. In a way that, like, feels weird to me, but I just literally can't. I would, I'd almost, like, 
if I had it in my apartment, I'd like be like, I should throw this away. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a lucky impulse. Like, I enjoy those things. Uh, like, I have a full... Here's a dumb thing. I have a full sculpted figurine of Darkness from Legend. Mm -hmm. That was like... I probably paid like 50 bucks for it or something. Mm -hmm. And then my dad got me like a full daredevil like things like that so I have like a couple things like that mm -hmm. but I'm not a big doodad collector yeah so much yeah it's more like the property even if they had like labyrinth ones I think I would be like here's where I'm trying to think of what movies you're, like, you're, you're now like they might have labyrinth ones well like I'm wondering if there's a movie that's so unusual that if they had it you'd be like that's what I'm trying to think. Here's what I think they would be. I recently just tweeted online my list of my top seven movies, which I've talked about on the show. Of my I saw it, yeah. Then I also post my list of movies that I don't expect you to like, but I love. I saw both of those. Um, but I think a lot of those movies, those movies, if they had figurines, I would. That yeah, might be the only thing I would get. No, I wouldn't. You want to know why? Why? I think there's a. This is going to sound so dumb. But I think there's sort of like a... Yeah, I would probably get that. Because yeah, it looks a little more like him. He's already looks like that, kind of. But I also think there's a sort of like... Cool I just showed a Funko Jareth and a Funko Hoggle. So I think there's sort of an, an ironic hipster pro-Jareth kind of thing. Yeah, I would maybe get that. That is a... I think that's also... Might be a vintage one, maybe? That's the only thing that interest me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But I feel like there's people that are like, yes, that would be the kind of thing that I would get. He just showed like these like vintage, yes, 100%. But I think there's... You this, got the, you, the more expensive they got, the more likely you were to... Uh, but you know what I mean? I think there's this like cool hip thing now of like, no. Not look at that little worm. Uh, to me, those reek of non-genuine fandom. I think the Funko things just don't feel... It doesn't feel like the people who make that or buy that really like the properties. Uh -huh. I own that. You do? Yeah. I brought you brought that, that to the thing, brought right? brought that to the show. See, I like the things that feel like... This is going to sound so lame, but like only a real fan would have this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's why the, those Funko things don't feel that way to me because it feels like... It's as much about being a fan of the Funko look as it is the thing. Yeah, and it feels like someone trying to buy or have something that's just like, a, hey, look, I'm a fan of this thing. Where it's like, to be a true fan of it, you would spend $100 on the actual vintage toy. Um. But again, that's me being an idiot about all this stuff. But No, you're probably actually being... That's probably a, a much more um, fortunate uh, viewpoint to have because it also saves you a lot of money and space and things that you don't really have a useful need for. Here's the things that I think if they did have those, I would get them. Uh, Robin Williams and Toys. Because um, I see what that one looks like in my head already. Mm -hmm. And then, actually, I don't know. There's not that much else. 
trying to think of my movies that I love. It's hard because like Double Dragon the movie, but it would just be Double Dragon the video game, which is already ubiquitous. And yeah. And then the other one would be like Speed Racer the movie, but it would just be yeah Speed Racer. Well, like Legend, well, Legend if they had Legend stuff. Well, it's interesting because there are some that that look works for better than others. Like they came out with ones that were uh, Peanuts ones. Right. But they only looked good on the animals. They didn't look good on any of the... People. Yeah, like the Charlie Brown one and the Linus one. Like, they didn't look right. Right, because it's like, it's not A to seeing the look. It's like, the style is already weird, so it's like E to Ming. Yeah, whereas <laughs> yeah. like, the Nightmare Before Christmas ones translate pretty well. Right. Uh, some of the Disney ones translate well, but I don't really care for the Muppet ones. Um... Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm a little, like, I'm definitely, I go through periods of, like, wanting to collect a bunch of stuff, and then I go through periods where I'm like, I should get rid of all my stuff. Right. I try to be very specific in the things that I want to collect. Yeah. Labyrinth, Bowie. Tati. Like you would, if Funko came out with a thing that was a, uh, a playtime, uh, playtime uh, fun set. Yes, hundred percent. Merchandisers, there is a market for a playtime fun set. Yeah, Monster Hulo and the Hulo lookalikes. I'd be into that. Mm. What movie? What movie would be the movie that you'd be most excited if they came out with action figures? I don't know because some of the one, well, the one not Funkos, but like realistic action figures, like Star Wars figures, like vintage Kenner style. The one that I would absolutely go nuts for is if they came out with a realistic uh, Kenner style Arrested Development uh, set because it's the it's it's a show where if you started. They came out with Arrested Development Funkos, but they did it wrong because they came out with a set that included doubles of some characters, but none of the female characters. Oops. Like, there's two Michaels, there's two Busters. There's, there's probably like, two Tobiases. There's two Tobiases, but one of the Tobiases was uh, a limited chase one that was blue. It was like okay. one of those rare ones. So that one, there's actually a good reason for there to be two of them. But the Mike one was literally like one of him in the apron from the banana stand and one of him in a suit. And Weird. already it's like Michael Bluth is not a particularly striking looking Funko. It's a, just right. a boring looking guy. Whereas like on Buster, you can at least put like a hook on his hand or something. Yeah. Um, but if they actually did a... But they should have done like Lucille and maybe and Lindsay. They're, they're like... It made no sense not to do the whole family, so I think they probably... Like the ensemble, yeah. Yeah, they probably didn't sell that well for that very reason, because you can't get a full Bluth family. Right. But what I would really want is you can get the family, but then you can also get, you know, Gene Parmesan and blah, 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 and uh, all... There's, like, such a rich, such a deep bench of supporting characters 
and play sets that you could, even if they were just the cheap, like, cardboard backing kind of play sets, there's so many different, like, even, like, if you made a Bluth model home that was, like, deliberately, like, falling apart, sort of. Right. But it just would be such a, a fun, and I think it really, if you did it right. Like the old G.I. Joes. If you did it right, it would sell really well, I think. Right. Um, but there's a lot of, like, for I'm trying to think for, like, Funkos, because, like, I would think it was funny if they came out with, like, broadcast news or something. But it wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, these toys are great. Right. Um, like... Like, the, the few that I have are, like, I have, like, Rocky and Bullwinkle, because there aren't a lot of Rocky and Bullwinkle toys, and they kind of, it looks neat to have stylized versions of those right. characters. I have, like, the Ghostbusters and then a big Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. So there's, like, a couple like that where it's like, oh, it's a fun little thing. But, but at a certain point, like... Uh, like I've got some of the Big Lebowski ones like I think it's fun to have those that's like a fun movie that there are toys from it I think for me it's more about wanting to have like tattoos like mm-hmm. wanting to have like an icon or an image that feels yeah. unique mm-hmm. which is tough because it's like obviously people won't make that many products that like I could be the only one that has it <laughs> yeah um, because even still thinking about like movies like my neighbor Totoro is like one of my favorite movies, but the, his Totoro's image is so, it's like it's like Mickey Mouse to a certain extent. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's like so I wouldn't want that, even though I consider that one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, it'd be like almost like having Hello Kitty stuff. Right. If you could guarantee that in your career you could always call your own shot and you could always basically get what you want but everywhere you ever lived from now on would be head to toe decorated full Hello Kitty almost like you were the world's most obsessive Hello Kitty fan and you could never fully explain it to anyone would you do it? you want me to say something uh Overconfident? Oh, that you don't need to? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> so I like to think I'm already going to be on that path. <laughs> I do want to point out that even though we're sitting in a booth and there was really no reason for to do that, that you put your hand on your hip. Like you leaned back and went. You want me to say something? You like you did? You didn't? You were confident enough to not take the fork out of your right hand. Right. But the whole left side of your body did a full Superman uh, stance. Sitting, my thoughtful pose. Sitting down. Yeah, I wouldn't. All right, here's one for you. Okay. You could... This one, okay. You could get any role that exists. Any role. You could basically just like choose to be in it, and it would it would come with no strings attached in terms of people knowing that you chose to be in it. It would just become a role that they casted you in. Yeah. But 
everything in your personal life that you have, all your items, all your clothes, your room. It is all themed and branded with Broomhilda. I, and I lose all my old stuff. Like, do, No, your I, old stuff can go to your parents' house. But everywhere that you live that is not your parents' house. So I don't have anything to watch that's not Broomhilda? Yes, yes. No. No, no way. You can watch like TV and movies yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But you can't own it. <laughs> How am I watching it? Oh, I can only stream stuff? Yeah, you can like stream stuff and go to movies. <laughs> but I lose but, my like, I lose my DVD collection. No, your parent it can go to your parents' house. Ah, it's no good to me there. Okay, fine. I just want to know how deeply I didn't know whether it was it was changing things so that if I put on a Costello record now it was a songs about Brunhilde. No, no, no. Sung by Brunhilde. Where would it be? Your media remains the same. Okay. But like your My record clothing? player is like a Brunhilde themed record player. Still plays re- regular records. Though. Right, but like Looks instead, like of, instead of putting the neat needle, you put a little Brunhilde on it. Um, listeners should Google Brunhilde to find out about this long discontinued syndicated comic strip. Um, and it's one part or any part ever? Any part. Yeah, I do it. <laughs> He's a great actor. You know about the Broomhilda thing though, right? <laughs> Everything's Broomhilda. Yeah, because I don't actively dislike Broomhilda that much. Well, that's why it's so weird. It's, there's no way to spin that into irony because it's so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I probably would start believing it was great. Like, I probably would get to this point where, like, you don't get it. I'd be like, within five years, I'd be like, it's a fun strip, and she's a fun character. Um, yeah. Uh, because I'm not, as, I'm not as confident as you are that things are going to go well for me. Sure. Um, and that, but that's also not. Uh, what did I experienced recently that was like a. Uh, I'm trying to think if I I've had some feeling recently that was based on something that was kind of like. Uh, I, uh, I'm still trying to think what would be a what would be a regular movie that I'd be like I hope that they would make toys out of this or if there's a, any movie that I ever liked that I'm like this is sorely lacking. Let me go to my list. It is a weird thing because it's so tightly, it's so closely tied. The idea of like owning a thing because I like a thing, so like I own a thing connected to it. That did become a very like, uh, uh, that was such a specific thing that I remember like as a child that if I liked Bugs Bunny cartoons, it felt good. Like I had these little rubber Bugs Bunny toys that were literally, they were almost like not made of like a racer 
but like they were floppy rubber and they were one color. So it'd be like a porky pig that was like all just green rubber. And to me, it felt uh, like. Connor's about to buy them. Let me see. Um, yeah. Um, like, in a weird way, because like a lot of what I was a fan of was stuff that was no longer really. Um, New. Um, yeah. Um, they were like I was the the cartoons. A lot of the things I was fans of were things that had actually come out. You know, thirty or forty years earlier. Right, like as a kid, I loved Wacky Races. Yeah, so that was already over like 10 or 15 years old at that point, right? Probably more, yeah. So 1970s, probably? Right. Um, well, I don't even know whether I will be able to find the thing I'm looking for, because I don't know how widely available they would have been. Um, it was probably a license thing, you know what I mean? Like. Oh, yeah. Could have even been like a regionally made toy or something, you know? Um, Here's a TV show that I would get stuff from. Yeah. Reboot. What? You ever watch Reboot? Reboot? Oh my god, it's so good. What is it? It was the first episodic. It's only 3D animated TV show. And it was. This animation was very simple, but it was a genius concept, and they executed it really well, I mean, considering. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with it, and it's amazing. It's about ideas of computers, and inside the computers are these cities, um, and the main city is mainframe, uh-huh. and basically, uh, it's about the people who are they called the protectors or the defenders but anyways so whenever a user decides to play a video game on the computer yeah a giant purple cube descends from the sky and envelops a part of the city and if the player wins that part of the city is destroyed and like everyone inside that cube is killed and so these people's job in the city are they fly into the cube. So if you get stuck in the cube, you go into the game. Yeah. These people's job is to go into the cube and play the game and beat the user yeah. to save their city. So it's like basically like it's a show about the computer world and video games from the perspective of the like computer player. Yeah. And it was really cool. But then it got like super crazy and Mad Maxy and there was this like really deep universe they created and all this stuff went on. And I don't think it was that I think it was relatively short-lived, but it was really interesting, and I loved it. And I still, still, there's ideas and concepts from that show that, like, I think about. I think you, I think you dig it weirdly. Yeah. Well, how can this be seen now? I bet it's on Netflix or somewhere in licensed spurts. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really good, though. 
Here, I'll show you an image. I bet you've seen an image of it before. It was such a stri striking image at the time. Yeah. These characters. I've never seen that. Yeah. This was Bob. He was the main guy, like the hero. This is the girl that he was like in love with. She ran the local diner. This is her little brother, Enzo. This is their dog. And then this is like the uh, Megabit, the evil guy. Yeah. And then there's like a... The green ones look like live action versions of Astro Snicks. Of what? Do you know the Astro Snicks? <laughs> they were a McDonald's toy series in the 80s. That was so good. Reboot. There was like three people on it. I like how we're both trading like weird, obscure childhood imagery. And for both of us, there was like three listeners who were like, ooh, Reboot, ooh, Astro Snicks. Yeah. Um. What would be, if tomorrow you got called in for a meeting and said, J.D., we wanted you to reboot a franchise. Reboot. I've yeah, thought about it. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. It immediately becomes who's on first. Yeah. Reboot? Yeah. Reboot. Okay. Pick anyone. You name it, and we'll do it. Reboot. That's right. That's what we were asked you for. No, I want to do the series reboot. Okay. A series. Interesting. Okay, do you want to do a film or a TV series? No, the cartoon series. Oh, a cartoon Reboot. series, but you want to do a live action. Okay, pick one and it's yours. The show, the show is called Reboot. You started to say a sentence <laughs> and then you just broke down. Um, I set myself a little challenge and I, without, um, but I didn't, I knew it could make it happen if I said it, but I set myself a goal this week because I saw I was close to 6,000 Twitter followers. I was right. like, I want to get to 6,000 by my birthday, but I want to do it without uh, calling attention to it. I want to see if I can just do it through... How do you do that through natural means? I just sort of set myself a challenge of uh, trying to tweet in ways that I thought might get... Uh, I'm three away, three away now. See, I delete all my tweets, which I think hurts my ability to gain Twitter followers. Why you do that? You just don't want it living there? Yeah, I just don't want it staying there. And even though I know they get saved in other places, I yeah. like it to be... You like to be a blank slate? I like it to feel... I like there being a long back history of stuff. I know that about you. That's why I started doing... I realized I'm probably the only person doing it, but that's why I started doing that Terry Witherspoon was more just a way of journaling... I just wanted to jot some stuff down in a right. place I knew if I ever needed to, I could just go back and look at it on Facebook. Yeah, I was worried at first no one was chiming in. <laughs> yeah. It really didn't matter to me because I was kind of like, I'll tag people every now and then so they'll see if I'm mentioning them. Right. Um, we're, so, we're well sold out already. Right. We sold out like two days ago. Wow. Um, I'll probably try to come up a bunch of people too. We gotta pack that place out. 
Yeah, I'd be packed. We got to give the team man a big goodbye. Uh, you know what I think's cool, though? Yeah. I know we're talking about this show again. It's probably annoying, but our goal is we set out because we felt like it was like a crime that Terry didn't have a platform at the theater. Yeah. And we basically built him a show that became an institution that was his name to the point that the past three years at the all-theater meeting with like Besser and all those guys, yeah, he's been like, so what's good at the theater? And everyone just goes like, Terry Withers. Like, yeah. well, it's like just the guy Terry Withers, but also the Terry Withers mystery. Yeah. Even though our show is sort of his only running thing. Yeah. So I feel like we achieved that goal. Yeah, well. Good. Let's get more water. That'd be great. Well, because especially since right before we created it, he was sort of like, maybe I'm done performing or maybe I'll get a job as a banker. Right. And then and now look at him. And he's going to run an improv theater. We saved a man. Baltimore owes us the thanks. Um, I also... But also it's laughable to think that Terry Withers, you know Terry would never become a banker. No, but he might just get a regular job and not have a performing outlet. And then, you know... But he, my point is he's got such a passion for... Yeah. Creativity. Thank you so much. Um, but people walk away from it. You know, they, if, if, he, if we hadn't created a show for him and he didn't have the energy to create another show for himself at that point, I could see him just being like, yeah, that's something I used to do. Right. Um, and I could see him getting sucked into a job that doesn't, re- doesn't allow the energy for him to also do creative right. stuff. Terry's a good and guy. I, as sad as I am that it's ending, because like, when you were talking to Gavin, I was talking briefly to Caroline because... I don't know how I'm going to edit that stuff either. Yeah, well, you know. What I might do is I might go audio down, like... Sort of like do like the what's, what do they call it the cocktail party thing? Yeah. Um, Caroline uh, was in the episode I think that you were at uh, yeah. Diddy, and that's the one that I told you about where she was flirting with Jay, and he and Jay got very uncomfortable with it. Like Terry she, got uncomfortable. No, no, Jay got Noah right. as Jay. She asked if he was single, and he immediately was like, Terry. Like, he was immediately yeah. like, I don't want to, to talk to a woman. And so I was like, that was when I told you, like, I want to bring her back and have an, an, a long arc of romance. Right. Which you then said so that we could eventually kill her. Right. Uh, you know, I would have fought for it if it did Like, I was curious to see if we could get a shipper type. Right. If we could get an audience to actively be, like, invested in a romantic subplot for Jay. Right. Um, Do you think... Jay straight? Uh, I don't think Jay... I think Jay is open. Uh, it's, I guess straight... Because the person I ever said the word straight aloud yeah. felt like it was an outdated term. Yeah. Heterosexual. Um, yeah. But... Maybe we'll use her in the last show. Maybe there's something we can do. Um... As sad as I am that it's ending because there were so many things that we still wanted to do with it, I was thinking today on the way to your place, on the way to your office uh, before this, I was like, well, most most of the shows that I really liked ended before they were supposed to. Like, now we're in an era where shows, I mean, we are still getting to end it properly and everything, but, like, so many times there have been, like, a TV show that I'm like, or the TV show that I'm like, I would have... 
that should have had more seasons, but I'm glad, you know, like Freaks and Geeks or something like that. Where Pushing I'm like, Daisies? I never saw Pushing Daisies. What? You would have loved Pushing Daisies. Connor, watch Pushing Daisies. I will. Pushing um, Daisies is great. It was one of the most, the problem with it, it was one of the most complicated premises for a TV show, but once you understood it, it was brilliant. There was like five rules that you had to understand, and if you yeah. understood them, it was brilliant. Yeah. But if you watched it and you didn't know those rules, you'd be like, why is What's, this? Why, why? That's how I, th- I thought Alias kind of was. Alias, uh, the premise of it being that she joins the CIA uh, and then finds out that it's not really the real CIA, it's a fake CIA right. run by an evil organization that tells its people they're in the CIA. And then the real CIA hires her to stay in her job in fake CIA to do evil missions with good people who think they're in the CIA, but then secretly report back to the real CIA to try to take down. Right. And it was so complicated, and the double-double agent mechanics of every plot would always, like, hurt your head a little bit if you were trying to, like... How do they like? How do they think of stories for this? Like, it's so hard to figure out like what gives away too much right. to the people she's working for. If she like, because the, the whole thing about when you're undercover, how it's like right. you got to be convincing to the people that you're right. Ugh. So pushing daisies works such that the main character, if someone dies, yeah, he can touch them and bring them back to life. But only for a minute. And uh-huh. if one minute passes, and oh my god, wait, what is it? Okay, this is why it's complicated. Yeah, you can bring someone back to life, but if they're back to life for more than one minute, someone else has to die in their place, and they become permanently alive. Unless he touches them again after that one minute. And then they're permanently dead forever. Okay. So you you bring someone back to life. Bring someone back to life. You have one minute, a one-minute grace period in which they basically are, like, alive and can talk to you. And then if you touch them again, they they're go dead back. Forever. They're dead forever. Uh-huh. But if you, let, if you let them stay awake for more than a minute, someone else in the world... Will in die. The, in and the, you can't in the immediate it. vicinity, you can't control it, dies. Yeah. And but they can stay forever. alive for as long as they want, unless you touch yeah, them again. And you can touch them again at any point. Yes. And so the whole show is about this guy who brought back to life the girl that he's in love with. But he can't touch her again. But he can't touch her because she'll die forever. And because he accidentally kept her alive too long, like, I think it was her mother died. Mm-hmm. So it's like super sad. So it's like this romance where these people are in love and they can never touch. And then he goes around and solves Mysteries. murders because he can just go to the morgue and wake them up and ask them questions for one minute. Yeah. That's good. And it's like the super stylized universe. But it's that kind of thing where it's like... Is that a Barry Sonnenfeld show? I actually don't remember. I thought there was like some name attached to that. There that was. was. Like... I completely forget who it was, though. But it was the exact kind of show. No, where it's Brian Fuller, and he's the guy who did um, Hannibal, right. the TV show, and I believe is also in charge, maybe of the upcoming 
Uh, he did Dead Like Me, and I think he's Didn't also... He have some Six Feet Under? Um, There's some Six Feet Under relationship to that show, I think. He did Wonderfalls, which I watched a few episodes of. Right. And I think he also did a bunch of Star Trek things, and he might be involved in the new Star Trek, right? Okay. I don't um, know. There was a great show, but in the intro... Oh, you know who it was? It was um, the guy that did all of the audiobooks for Harry Potter. Um, what's his name? Famous voiceover guy. Jim Dale? Yeah, Jim Dale. The man of a Thousand Voices? Exactly. It was Jim Dale at the beginning being like, the pie maker can touch one person and they come back to life and he has one to touch them. But if he touches them again, they die forever. But if he lets them stay out, it was like, really they rushed to explain it and I you basically had to watch in the first episode to really yeah. get it but if you did you they did such fun things with those rules yeah and it was so beautifully art designed it was this very stylistic universe it was like a fantasy universe almost. yeah but like a Boz Lerman film but it was great but that was another show that was like when it got cancelled it was like no and it was around the same time as Rust Development where it was like yeah all these cool shows are getting canceled. Yeah. Ryan Fuller is good. Good TV is good. <sighs> 10 o'clock. We're not doing so bad. We're not doing so bad. I think this has been a good episode, too. I think so. I mean, strong start. Really strong start. Middle is fine. I've been liking this. Yeah. You liked your breakfast? I did. It was good. You didn't want your ham? No, the ham was fine. It was fine. I had this weird... Can I eat your ham? Yeah. I have this weird... Ment- I didn't touch any of this. Right. Cut it all. Um, I have this weird mental thing that I do now mm-hmm. where I feel like it's a little OCD, mm-hmm. which I've learned now that I like have some elements of OCD, mm-hmm. something I've been learning from therapy and my doctors. Um, I always leave, not like a fucking, leave, leave, make a plate for Elijah kind of thing, mm-hmm. but like I leave some, I don't eat my entire meal ever. Yeah. I don't know why, even though I'm trying to gain weight, but I just mentally, if I eat all of it, I'll feel sick. Mm-hmm. It's a weird mental thing. I got a lot of weird mental anxiety that has to do with my stomach and eating. That's what I was going to say earlier when we were talking about food. And for all of my, like, food issues, yeah, I never have, unless I get sick, right. I never have stomach problems. Like, I never have had any, like, digestive right. issues. And it's always a weird thing when people are like, oh, I'm lactose intolerant. If I have milk, then I'll feel terrible. And I'll do, and I'm like... I don't think I ever feel bad after eating food. And it's so interesting because I'll eat anything mm-hmm. taste-wise. Yeah. But all of my anxiety and all of my everything, I feel it in my stomach. Yeah. So I'll feel sick all the time and I'll feel, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I do have lactose intolerance to a certain degree where it's like I just feel real sick after her. Yeah. So I have to take lactate and then... I'm allergic to some fruit. Like today, when you're eating that fruit, I, still, I got a really scratchy throat. Ooh. Peaches, I realized, do it. 
And those peaches were those good. peaches were amazing, so I just kept eating them. And I was like, I hadn't had a peach in a long time, and I was like, maybe I'm not allergic. Nope, I still am. You know a movie I really like that I don't think ever gets talked about anymore? What's that? Fearless. With Jeff Bridges. I don't see it. I think it was, who's the guy who directed Mosquito Coast and Witness? Peter Weir? Yeah. It's a Peter Weir movie from the 90s. And it's about Jeff Bridges survives a plane crash and then it's like he's not afraid of death anymore. Right. And I think it's Jeff Bridges and Rosie Perez. And it's a What drama. you talking about? <laughs> it's not about you're not afraid of anything anymore. That's your Jeff Bridges? Yeah. Mookie. Mm. The, uh, I saw a thing, uh, Alan Schurstel, uh tweeted or said something on Facebook or something where he was talking about uh, do the right thing and what a great right. movie it is and he said that in an interview he interviewed Spike Lee once and was talking to him about how about him going to about going to see the movie when it came out with his mother at a mall in Olathe, Kansas right or Overland Park, Kansas or someplace and Spike Lee insisted to him that that was impossible because it never got released there and I thought that was such a funny detail because right. uh, he was like, I saw it with my mom at a mall in Kansas, and Spike Lee was like insistent that it never got released there. Right. And uh, it's such a funny and very peculiar thing to like sort of pick a fight about. Right. Uh, uh, well, I want to look up that um, to see if that concert that. Uh, John went to at the Nashville Rooms is the same one I'm thinking of that is on like, I think it's actually on yeah thank you so much thank you live at the Nashville Rooms that's so funny yeah, I hearing him talk about Coraline. Yeah, and the Tiny Toons adventures thing. Yeah, because those are two things I've always been curious about. And I completely forgot they did Malcolm in the Middle. Mm-hmm. Life is unfair. Um. Sorry, John, if you're listening now for seeing that part, since that bothers you. Yeah, I'm looking at these dates. Wait, we should a do a Q&A. Not oh, a Q&A, but like we should... Open it up to questions out there? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, t I'll post on our thing. I wonder if this Nashville Rooms concert is indeed the one that he saw. What question? What? Uh, oh, you're just putting it out there. 
for questions. Here's something that's kind of interesting, is now, John, if John is listening to this, I was looking up to see the thing about he remembers about Party Girl, the song Party Girl, and according to this, the first, his, his memory of it was that it was at that Nashville Rooms show. But I actually see that the first live performance of Party Girl is listed as being 1978 in Boston, which I think might be, mean that it's at, it was at that second show that he went to that his friends didn't like. But that still would be way early for right. that song. Uh, but that's looking it up on the Ellis Costello wiki, which is obsessive about all manner of details. There are also a couple of Nashville Rooms shows that do not have set lists, so it could have been that he was at one of the ones that didn't have a set list recorded since it was so early. Just tweet it out. Tweet it out, see what happens. I said, what did I say? As we round the final bend of our 12th episode, are there any questions you've wanted us to answer or loose ends we need to tie up? We've about four hours left in the, sh- in the show. Yeah. Oh, boy, I'm stretching. Um, it was great. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll just get it. Get a smoothie. I think mine my, my is like a $7.50 smoothie. I got it, though. It's fine. I think I got a 10. Yeah, I'll just play with my card, though. All right. You can sit here for a minute, though. You can, what? Sit here for a while? So? A minute, yeah. Yeah. Um, I may use the bathroom. Okay. Uh... One, have any questions started firing in? Uh, let's see. Have you noticed Twitter? Does your Twitter not update as quickly anymore? Uh, I haven't noticed. You, uh, you take charge of the talking and answering questions while I go to the bathroom. I'll stay silent. Okay, Barnes or Gates? What? Barnes or Gates? What's that? I don't know. Are those two? That sounds like the name of police detectives. I go with Gates then. Is it a reference to something? I don't know. Barnes, B A R N S? Yeah. I don't know how those are. It depends what I need it for, Nicholas right? Nicholas Mar- Margello says Barnes or Gates. I guess I'll try to figure out what it. I think 
Let's see. What did that mean? Barnes or Gates? One of my favorite things ever was, there I tell the story about Matt Withrow. Or Matt Withrow. He was a runner, underdog runner. Look up Matt Withrow. Footwalker Nationals Cross Country. It's one of my greatest things. It's like something that I want, I want to make like a documentary about this moment. Um, but anyways, he's a underdog. All these people doubted him. And uh, it was for the high school national championship cross country race. Yeah. Where's the bathroom? From Illinois from a tiny school. Right. No one else in his school. Basically, was anywhere near the level that he was at. He was one of the best runners in the world. So it's like this kid that just like took it all on himself. And he was sort of like the pride of Illinois. Just sort of like, felt like this like long North kid with long Gary Clark headband that had this insane athletic ability in his drive. So he made it to the national championship where there's all these runners that had a lot of sort of national buzz and whatnot. And uh, the one guy he was against was Galen Rupp, who you guys might know now as the current Olympian top distance runner in the country. And the other one was Shadrach Kiptu, who was a guy that I think just came from Ethiopia. I think. Are those Kiptu an Ethiopian name? Um, and like this was his first eligible year. So it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, a kid from a much an area with much more running background and genetics is now going to win the national title. And so they, they televised this race. And the whole race, they're talking about Galen Rupp, who's this kid who's been, like, bred since he was a kid to be a top runner. Like, um, Alberto Salazar, one of the top coaches in the world, started, like, basically professionally coaching this kid since he was, like, 13 or whatever. There was all these footage, videos of him. And he had, like, a pressure tent he slept in. And he uh, had an underwater treadmill. So, anyways... The race happens, and all the pe- all the t- people on TV are like, it's all about Galen Rupp and Shadrach Kipti. We're going to see what happens. And, like, they have all these packages about them and whatnot. And uh, Matt Withrow's big thing was that two-mile mark is a three-mile race. He would kick. He'd go into a full sprint, which is very early to do that. And he would decimate fields and just, like, break up in the conference. And win the race. chances here um, and then they're like this race is down to Shadrach Kip 2 and Galen Rupp Rupp and Kip 2 it's like really great and it's like a movie so Matt Withrow has this kick which is like you know, just, his final spring just everything you have and he just tears down the track and you even hear the announcement like oh my god oh my god Tinley Park Illinois in the house Matt Withrow in the house taking the lead and he's gonna win this and he like tears by them in this amazing dramatic fashion in the post interview it's like awesome and like every kid in Illinois is going nuts and in the post interview uh, they ask him what what let him do that and he goes uh, just came around the bend and I heard uh, Caitlin Kaltenbach and she was the one who I think won from the Midwest the women's race it's like I heard Caitlin say shut the gate Matt she said to shut the gate and so I did it and so from then on, the phrase shut the gate has been this thing that like, inspires all this uh, like, go-gettedness from me. It's like, I love the phrase shut the gate. It's like, that phrase isn't like, really used in the, any other, it's not like a phrase, but I just love the idea of this thing, like shut the gate being this like, close it down, win the thing, I don't know. So that's why I choose gates, not barns. Okay, Justin McElroy from My Brother, My Brother and Me 
the wonderful podcast, and the show that I'm working on right now asks, where are all the sponsors? And Connor, what is your answer to that? Uh, in the uh, Sky Booth. In the Sky, sky booth. Box. Nope, that, sky, booth? sky Booth. So all of our sponsors are in the Sky Booth? Yeah, that's where they listen from while we record these. So and we are constantly getting notes from them asking us to be more subtle about the way we integrate our... Right. So basically, if you guys don't know, the way that we deal with sponsorships on our show is that we very, very organically build them into the fiber of the show. Yeah, so you don't even know there's You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. But Ideally. those sponsors, basically, they hover above us. Yeah. Uh, depending on where we are, sometimes a mile in the air, sometimes as low as 500 feet. Yeah. And they basically, uh, they whisper thoughts into a microphone, and those microphones um, lead to a sort of a wristwatch yeah. that both Connor and I have yeah. at all times that we can look at that has the notes. A lot of times the notes are just like, dial it back, you're getting too close, they can't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a couple code words where if they say things, yeah. uh, we just have to... Let's say we, we let's say we went too hard about something, like we mm -hmm. hinted at a sponsorship too much. They'll say a code word, and it means that we'll have to really make the next hour boring, so people just sort of forget about it. Yeah. And uh, and then usually, uh, whenever an episode is released, we'll usually get feedback from them uh, based on the final edit. Once they hear yeah. the final edit and everything. And uh, we just check, we just check, like, there's a box next to each, like, sort of, each item they have, and we'll sort of check those boxes. And then uh, we put those in an envelope, and uh, we log on to stamps.com to get our postage, and just send it away. It's easier than going to the post office. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we do this all quietly, so you can't hear it. It's barely audible at all. Yeah. Um, it's barely audible. Like, you really, if you wanted to listen to it, the you same probably way that, couldn't. Yeah, this, the same way that you listen to books on tape, or oh. things like that. Yeah. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't listen to that process. Again, it's barely audible. If you're listening, you can't hear it. Exactly. It's not audible at all. Yeah. Not at all. No. Um, but things that, like, an example of something that is audible yeah. is, like, you know, sometimes we'll play cartoons. Like, we played Ziggy's Gift that one time. Mm -hmm. Another example is, like, we could play Casper. Friendly Ghost. Yeah. Um, so if we were really going to get into Casper, the Friendly Ghost, we would play that cartoon. But again, we don't play that because we're so tired that we might fall asleep. Because a big part of the sleep experience is your mattress and how your mattress feels. And both Connor and I, for a while, haven't had mm. very comfortable mattresses. So we're always looking for some sort of solution to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Um, so that's why you don't hear us... Yeah. Listen to cartoons like Casper, yeah. The Friendly Ghost. That's right. And when we do go to sleep, I mean, it's usually in a room, uh, four corners, yeah, uh, four walls. It's a square space. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, obviously we all know that about rooms because when you walk into a room, what you see is what you get. Yeah. You know, and so... We just think it's simple, fast, efficient to fall asleep in a room where everything's the same size. So, more than anything, we spend a lot of our time in Squarespace. Yeah. Ba da 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 da.
Well, uh, next question. Should we? What's the next question? Should we start heading up towards the theater? Do Let's you think? Do, do five, five more, more questions. questions. Okay, next question from Clayton. What do you oh, think? Hello, Clayton. What do you think the next year ooh has in store for both of you? Where do you see your lives going? Let's answer that after cage match. Yeah, because I'll either know that I'm going to be doing a cage match every week for the next year, or not at all. Exactly. Justin Cop says, which of the things I brought up have you talked about more? Sesame Street parodies or politeness towards strangers? Oh, hilarious. Justin, I'm sorry. We talked about your politeness towards strangers thing. So sorry. Today. We're so sorry, Justin. Oh, we're so sorry, Justin. I hope, I hope the fact that we're being apologetic doesn't offend you. Jesus Christ. What an asshole. Kidding, Justin. I know. And now Justin McElroy again says, are you reading this? Am I on the show? Is this fame? Connor, what do you think? Are we reading this? Is he on the show? Is this fame? Is what? Justin McElroy asks, are you reading this? Am I on the show? Is this fame? Um, no, it's not. We asked for questions, and you uh, responded honestly and openly and vulnerably. You weren't afraid to put yourself out there, and now you're being read on the show. Yeah, it's, so... It's fine. It's not vain. Even if it was... Yes, it's, it's, if it's fame. Oh, I thought he was asking if it was vain of him to ask. No, you're saying, is this fame? No, it's not. <laughs> no, Justin, it's not. Uh, maybe you could get fame by, I don't know, having your own superstar podcast with hundreds of thousands of listeners. Yeah, you need to get on a podcast that has more people. This is just friendship. It's just friendship, Justin. Not fame. We're, you know, we're not, we're not a fame factory over here. We're, not, we're a friendship factory. We're not looking to develop this into like a TV show or anything like that. We're really just... We've, actually, we're open to it, but no <laughs> channel will give us a, the time slot we demand. <laughs> exactly. We're not going to trim this down to a half hour. No. Would you, let me ask you this, J.D. If uh, True TV came to you and said, we love Pro Our Day, we want you to do it as an hour-long show? Uh, no. Do anything you want. Um, how about if CNN said we want to give you twelve-hour slot on CNN International? Yes, hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah. JD saying secret things to There's me. There's a blind item going on here. Oh, that we would get. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Boy, I wish you could have heard that, <laughs> listeners. Um, um, Mark Ledgerwood. He just says, an audible rat lift tinkle. Okay. What's that mean? That I went to the bathroom? No, I think that's what he, that's the loose end he wants. Because I think you've always hidden. Always been quiet. Uh, Headbanger the fourth. Ah, Headbanger says, how stoked was JD about Olympic track and field? Does he feel vindicated by his anti-any stroke but freestyle swimming stance? Did they already take the card? No. My god. I could talk about Olympic track and field all day. And I feel very vindicated about my swimming, my anti-swimming thoughts, but we don't need to get into them here. But man, I feel like I've, ta I feel like I've had to explain that swimming thing to a lot of strangers. 
in a lot of contexts. Yeah. Everyone agrees with me. You're the only one that doesn't agree with me. What is it that I don't agree with you? That I think all the stupid uh, butterfly and breaststroke and backstroke. There's no such dumb. thing. That's not. There's. It's dumb. It's a waste of. It's a waste of talent. Just it, the whole thing should be fastest point A to point B. Jess McGinty says, "What's the best movie you've seen this year? The best thing you've done this summer?" Also, hi guys. Best movie I've seen this year, boy. Me don't know. Me don't know. Um, I really liked Wiener, the Anthony Wiener doc. Didn't see it. That was a really great doc. Best thing I've done this summer. I would say. I worked on my first Netflix special, which was fun. Being able to do something on that scale was cool. Clayton also asked about movies you've seen. I liked, I'm just looking at some movies. I'm feeling I, that uh, this is all going to be just um, kind of mainstream movies, but I like Captain America Civil War. Like, as those Marvel movies go, I thought that was a pretty satisfying one since it's starting to get messy now. Like, they spent that whole first era building up to Avengers and stuff. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, I like how this is kind of starting to get, like, I feel like it did all the things that like Superman and Batman w- kind of wanted to do, right. but they had done it with you investing in the characters for a long time first. Yeah, exactly. I like Zootopia a lot. Um, I enjoyed Finding Dory. I like Ten Cloverfield Lane a lot. I didn't see Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, I liked. Um, Mark Ledford wants a King Bad Boy. I have to get real tired for that. That'll come out though. Clayton says worlds are colliding. So Justin, anything you want Mark Ledgerwood to bring to Chelsea? A boogie party? No thanks. Wait, what was boogie party again? It was that drink with the Flintstones on it. Right, Flintstones boogie party. They don't make it anymore. Really? You looked. I don't think so. Well, I mean, I just didn't see it there anymore. Oh, I just saw Hell or High Water and I liked it. Um, What's that chocolate milk drink that's only at Whole Foods? That you don't have it anymore. I don't have any. I haven't. Well, or they might have it at Whole Foods. Um, that is, oh, what is it called again? Um, it's Belgian chocolate drink. Uh, what do you do when you're feeling uninspired? Sleep. What's your very color? Oh, Coco Metro is the name of the drink. Coco Metro. Yeah. Coco I mean, it's Metro. It's pretty expensive. Favorite color? Turquoise. Not really. Adam said that with such disdain yeah. and displeasure with himself. It's probably some form of yellow, but I don't know probably. which. Connor, that's a sad response to this. Why? You can just pick a color. Probably some form of yellow. I'm not sure which. Probably less um, like a rich yellow, like more like a, a egg yolk yellow with a, like a, a, an orange flex sort of yellow. Like a warm yellow. A warm yellow. Okay. Mine used to be an orange, and I think as I've grown up, it's become a light blue. Uh-huh. Like what a light, that? slightly warm blue. Um, what's been a big relief? For me, knowing that I can deal with a lot of stress and a lot of things at once, and that I won't fall apart. Um, for me, getting enough sleep, I think. 
Casey says, did the project of a 12-hour podcast bring something to you you didn't expect? Also, what are you looking forward to the most? 12-hour project. Yeah, that'd be great. You want to put the deep in the cup? Yeah. How much? Oh, sure. Uh, Let's put $5. That'd be great. Thank you. I felt pressure. Um, what do the process of this? Yeah. Something we didn't expect. I feel like, not necessarily because I expected this to unleash some interesting things. Uh-huh. Oh, here's what I didn't expect. I didn't expect people to like it that much. Yeah. I think... Uh, That's what it was. I thought this was going to be something that people were going to think that was insane and that we I would, did. If we kept doing it, it would be because... You know, I, I thought if we kept doing it, it would be sort of doubling down exactly. on how much people didn't like it. I wouldn't. I did not expect at all for people to actually enjoy the podcast. I mean, yeah. not. I didn't want them to not enjoy it, but I didn't think people would become as avid listeners as they are. When's the last time I saw you, J.D.? Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Was it June? No, it's the last Cherry Withers. You weren't here for the last Cherry I mean, Not Cherry that Withers. one, but like... July, beginning of July? Yeah. It's almost June. Why? Did something happen? No, I was just curious. I was just realizing because I was gone for a big chunk of that. Right. When you came back, we did something, didn't we? Did we? Why am I not remembering anything? Oh. We were going oh, to meet oh, up after... Oh. Oh, I guess not. We were going to meet up one night after Stepfather's, and then I didn't see you, and so I just went home, and you, like, texted at me. I've seen you since then, though. Have we? I don't know. Uh-oh. But, yes, I didn't expect people were actually going to... I didn't feel like... I didn't realize I was going to get as invested in the community of this podcast. Yeah. Will there be another... Said, oh, go ahead. Will there be another what? 12-hour day after this. Please say yes. Okay, yeah. have a good night. Thank you for the podcast. Says Aaron O'Brien. I like Aaron O'Brien. Yeah. Um, I like she used to do, they used to do uh, the um, tickles, right? They would do the uh, mm-hmm. their thing where they'd interview you and like then type it all up. See my book? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Connor handed me to his book. Connor Ratliff winning isn't everything. I'm going to read a final, a random segment. Sure. Drinking fountains. More of them. We need more of these. When I was a kid, every place had a drinking fountain, and it was great. And then bottled water became a thing, and at first, it was sort of a thing for assholes. We would make fun of it. It was for fucking yuppie idiots buying plastic bottles of water. Water was free. Why were they buying it? And then before long, everybody was buying it, wasting all these plastic bottles, and there started being fewer and fewer drinking fountains. Come on, let's bring back the cool drinking fountains that used to be everywhere. <laughs> uh, you, you made that sound funnier than I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> the, the way you said, come on, water's free, <laughs> was way funnier than I had envisioned it in my head. Um, all right, I'll read one other moment. That was during a chapter of I won't be president, but if I were, here's my issues. Oh, I'll read something from the racism. <laughs> I'm just going to read a random paragraph. All right. We're also fucked up about race because America was a country that was found, 
founded against the wishes of the people who are already living here, who were lied, lied to and massacred. I guess given that history, it makes sense that a lot of people are mad at new people trying to come here. Because the precedent is that if you kill the people who are already living here, you can declare yourselves the greatest and never really talk about that part of it. I love living in America, but oh boy, oh boy, has this place got a fucked up history. Why is it uncool to say that? The people who get the angriest when you talk about this stuff are, all the people, are also the people who flip out if you suggest they are racist. There's a lot of anger in here, Connor. Well, I don't think I'm that angry. I think I'm pointing out that there are people who have a right to be angry, right? I do think that is a thing that I haven't heard said very much, which is that it does kind of make sense how much people get paranoid about immigration. If you were just separating us from, from if you were just looking at this as like a sci-fi parable, what are you laughing at? Uh, part of Connor's campaign promises out here are make Broad City bring back my character from season <laughs> one. I played a customer service employee on the telephone in season one of Broad City. If I became president, I would make them bring my character back. I pitched this idea a few years ago that I thought they should have my character be used any time they needed someone to be on the other end of a customer service phone call. I'd show up maybe once or twice per season, never with more than a few lines, and then maybe in the final season there'd be an episode in which I played a larger guest role, interacting with Abby or Alana, and none of us have any idea that we had previously interacted in all those other times. But the audience would know. Anyways, it's too late to do this now, but if I'm president, I'd still make them bring me back one more time. I think they'd be open to it. If the president, they'd be open to having the president on. You can have this if you want, but. You oh, I'll to. take it. All right, free. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. What? I just like that you had the hand and we go, it's free. As if, as if, as if you're like, you can have this, and then you're going to be like, yeah, just five bucks. <laughs> like um, you thought it was so gracious to give it to me for free. Which it uh, is, but also... I sold enough of them that the last couple I can give away for free. Um, so I'm eating into profits. No, no, like I just made the book and I sold it at that show right? so that I wouldn't lose money making a book for the show. Right. Um, but the... Uh, no, but like if you were looking at America, not as America, but as just like a country in a sci-fi parable... Right. The reason why the people would be like, no more immigrants, we gotta put a wall, is because you would see like a bunch of people living here, and then a bunch of people arrive here, kill everyone, and then be like, no one else can come here. Yeah. Uh, because you know that, like, if some other people came here, killed everyone, and then were like, we're the best country in the world, that's the precedent. Right. That <laughs> you just, all you gotta do is just like, don't mention what you did. Right. Say, like, we're the best. It's king of the mountain. And talk about, only talk about like the, the awesome ideas that you have that are all about how that are kind of contradictory to those things right but they are like great principles like everybody's equal uh right well it's like when you're playing tag and you're like tag you're in you're ta no tag backs yeah and it's like well no no there's tag backs there's tag backs there's always tag if history has taught us anything is that history is nothing but tag backs uh griffin lefou says what's happiness um Send a Google link to the lyrics to uh, Happiness Is from Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. Okay. If that gets sent to you, that was Connor, not me. Here, I'll, I'll do that. For, is that from the... Uh... Yeah, I predicted that. Yeah. Uh, Naomi asks, It's easy to forget a lot of what happened since it's so much. What 12-hour moment stands out to you? Um... Uh, one of my favorites is uh, The Fairy. It's actually one of my mom's favorite moments, too. Because mm -hmm. she said, 
you could hear you and I turn into like 10 year old best friends mm -hmm. because we we're like making jokes and we got in the fair and we both got quiet and we we're like, this is so cool. Look at the, look at the water. Oh, look at the buildings. So that's my mom's favorite moment, I think. But I also like just that whole fairy experience. Oh, I also liked when we talked to the mattress guy, but that's lost the time. Oh, yeah. One of, truly one of the best um, moments in all of this podcast was our magical trip to, what was that store? Was that? Macy's. Macy's. Our magical trip. Oh, and Casey Miko just said, I'd like to strongly encourage a redo of the trip to Macy's at Christmas time because I love that podcast and Macy's Christmas. But our, our interaction, our long interaction about the mattress, which was completely lost, do we like it? Be no, it was good. It was good. It was good. But part of what it is... Part of what's great about it is that it's, we could never experience it again. Yeah. Headbanger says, seriously, seriously, oh, this is to Justin force you two to do a 12-hour My Brother, My Brother and Me to try to one-up J.D. and Connor. I don't think the McElroys have it in them. This is some indie podcasting over here. We're not, we're not run by a corporation. We can make our podcast as long as we need them to. These McElroys, these McElroys are part of a, part of a system. They got sponsors. I sent a response to Griffin LeFou. I love how the only thing that you respond to is something that is a reference to your good man Charlie Brown. No, I did a different Peanuts reference to it. Oh, okay. If I could recreate any um, Peanuts book cover with Chris Gethard, it would be this one. I can't find it, though. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I think you just go to our most recent Oh, tweet. yeah. Yeah, that is a very Gethard. He even wears those shirts. Mm -hmm. It matches his... Uh... I'm only two away from my goal, and I just need to get a little past the goal for my birthday. Oh. I like having a secret goal that I can only achieve by, uh, like, some of my tactics were, like, actively tweeting at, like, Tim Robbins to try and see if I could, if it would attract any other, like, I was trying to tweet about different things this week to see if what might stick. Right. Like, you know, you can't necessarily do anything that will uh, get you a new follower because they're not seeing your tweet, but you could do something that might uh, shake up your circumstances right. in a way that you can't Twitter. predict. Right. True walk over here. Yeah. Uh, let me check my batteries. Still good. Still good. It must be lithium. It must be the lithium. Look at those smooth... Look at those low rates. I've got something for you. You don't know that reference. No. That's Eagle Man. Local. 
Chicago Midway. Oh shit. Uh, that would be smart. This recorder, I think, is really good. Oh yeah. Because now that I can use these, yeah, I'm just gonna buy a bunch of these. You can just I charge them all that, swap them out. Then I don't have to carry around like loose batteries as much. Yeah. I also have to carry them for the lobs, but that's yeah. not as annoying. Um. We still gotta. We still gotta find. Maybe the next one will be the one that we do in the window of UCB. Oh yeah, we have to because it'll be. It either gets too cold or too hot. Yeah. Maybe that's a good unlucky 13. Oh, yeah. Because the next one is super unlucky. Thank you. Thank you. Test, test, test. Uh, JD's still working. Connor, you want to give me a test? Test, test, test. Connor's still working. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other like fun thing... Like, let's cross. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I was really, um, before I went to DC, oh man, you know, there's a thing that I do when I'm in DC which is the first thing that I thought of when I was like, uh, I knew I was going for three weeks, was, oh, we got to get, uh, yeah, you good, good, good? Um, was, oh, man, we got to get the Capital Bike Share right. at night and ride along the mall. Now, it was mm, so hot in D.C. while I was there. Like, it was the hottest place in the country, basically. Right. And it's also a place that you can't really escape from the heat without getting inside right and uh it was the first time that we tried to go bike riding well first of all I, my original idea which was ridiculous was like we'll do it every night <laughs> um right which would have been insane uh but the first time we tried to do it it was hard to find bikes anywhere in the, the central D.C. area near all of them all because the way it works is people take all those bikes and ride home. Right. And so all of those bike docks just get cleared out because they're all riding them from the city to the outer neighborhoods. Right. And so we went one night and Shannon's looking on the app to see where, well, there's one, there's a few bikes over in this area. We walk across, and there's all this, like, massive heat lightning, and we get across to where the bikes are, and it starts to drizzle a little bit, so we're like, we should maybe get into a doorway for a minute until the rain passes. Right. And then we see a McDonald's, and we're like, let's just go in there and get a snack first. And about two minutes after we went into the McDonald's, a hailstorm storm erupted, and it was so weird because it was so hot outside... And it was such a strange thing for ice to be falling from the sky while it was boiling hot outside. Right. And it was big pieces of hail that were, like, denting all the parked cars. And... You're reminding me, I had a crazy dream last night 
where I was stuck in a terrifying storm. Uh-huh. And it was, like, approaching, and I was in this city that was on, on like, an island. And I remember there's this, like, eminent doom of just, like, the storm is coming. Ooh. Uh, but you had that feeling of, like, the middle of the summer, super hot, heat lightning, but then also ice falling ice from the sky. Ice from the sky. And if we had gotten bikes, we would have been in the middle of, like, we would have been next to the Washington Monument, a place with right. no cover. Exactly. We would have just been pelted by rocks, basically. Uh, it would have been an absolute nightmare. Like, we were just sitting in there thinking, like, the windows are going to break. Have you ever been around, like, really big hail? Uh, no. I've never been in a hailstorm that I can remember. Except for that. Except for that, yeah. Uh, Did you not get Have you ever been outside? Not really. I mean, every now and then, but not... I, I, this was, like, big pieces of round ice, and I was just right. like... This is weird. Yeah. So we did eventually get to do the Capital Bike Share, and it was really great. Like, because I'm not a confident biker at all. Right. But, and, but like, BSJ was, like, nervous about it, and I'm like, you're going to be fine. You, everybody's going to be better than me at riding a bike. And right. it's such a perfect place to ride bikes in a group because you have the safety of numbers, like, it's not an area that I would walk around at night. Right. But there are people who are around and, uh, who are just, like, tourists and groups that are, like, wandering around. But it does feel, like, especially safe when you're riding with, like, three other people on bikes. Right. And the... Uh, so the other night, I had a show in D.C. for Turco. And I was like, our show's done at 1130 I'll pay for an Uber. We can go ride these city bikes for like a half an hour. We'll ride from the, we'll go pick them up near the Congress. Right. And we'll ride them over to Lincoln Memorial and get an Uber back to the hotel. And when we got to where the one place was where there were bikes, uh, I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of desolate around here in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Right. That like, it's next to like a park area, a small park area. And it feels like there's no one here unless there happens to be someone who shows up here. Right. And that felt strange and scary to me because I'm like, there's not a building, there's not a shop here. It's just like closed government buildings. Right. And maybe whoever happens to be wandering around at midnight who has nowhere to go. Exactly. And so we told the Uber driver, we're like, can we give you a few dollars to just, I was like, can we give you a few dollars to just wait here for like five minutes just to make sure that we can get these bikes. Right. Just we're not stranded here waiting 10 minutes for another Uber. Right. And everyone else thought I was being paranoid, but I went over to where the bikes were and I was like, put my card in, went through the whole process of getting the thing and got all the way to the end of it. And then it was like, this kiosk is out of order. Please go find another location. Right. And I'm like, that's why there's seven bikes here because this doesn't work. Right. And I was so like bummed to try this like a complete failed outing that we were basically just riding an uber for 35 minutes for nothing exactly but i was also like oh man i'm so glad we asked that guy to stay because otherwise it would have just been like this bizarre we've been this weird scary 12 minutes of like uh oh okay well yeah an uber is coming but there's not one near here yeah uh because there's no one in this area yeah I would not be confident riding. Well, you're on the perform page because of Terry Withers, right? Right. No, but yeah, okay. You just come on in. I just always feel weird. <laughs> 
No, not at all. You have a show that sells out every month here. You can no, walk I, in. I come. I walk in. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, it'd be so much fun if I had, like, drive and Hi there. Hey, Shannon. Long time no Hey, Mark. Good. You're on the podcast now. <laughs> Alex, do you have? Hey, Alex, do you have a feed from the floor mics that goes out? We're recording twelve hour day right now, and I'm gonna try to record the set. The set. Am I on right now? Yeah, yeah you're on right Welcome now. Welcome to twelve hour day, Alex. Welcome to twelve hour day, Alex. Hey, I'm a one time listener, <laughs> first time participator. I think I you, listen to like two episodes. That's a hey, two-time listener. That's two-time listener. Maybe. You just got to be on it one more time. Actually, you've been on it before, I think. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I'm a part of it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You plug into A in the center box. Oh, interesting. Is that what you wanted? It's an XLR. Right. Okay. And it's a feed of... I will make it just the ceiling. Oh, I know what I can do. What? I can put the wireless lav in there and then be in the booth. Ooh. I mean, you could just put it right here and, like, this hears everything on stage. Oh, I guess it does, too. But it also might hear Pat talking. That's not so bad. He comes back and you're like, Right. I'll see. I'll take your I'll take your lav from you when you go to on stage. Okay. But this is amplified, so... Yeah, I'll just hold it right there. Because it might... Would it be more complex to plug in? No, what I would do is i just put... I would put the transmitter over the... Like it's... I'm allowing a person. Oh. So it would just record the stage from out there. Yeah, actually that would be more complicated because then I have to get more cables. I'll just do it here. I'll do it the old-fashioned way. Don't tell everyone to shut up. No, I think it's great to hear that. No, it's not. I got nothing to add. They got nothing to add. I can, and then that way too, if if I get bored of Connor's boring set, or yeah, well, it might not just be a set for radio, you know? Yeah, exactly. Alex is showing me the Terry Withers Mysteries folder on the UCB. Ooh, I think I know what this is going to be. Oh, look, 11 episodes. Oh, my gosh. August, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, July, August. Oh, my God. You have them all recorded? I think. I mean, or just like mostly recorded, at least. And then DCM's in a separate folder. Wow. That... So I don't know if there's any you don't have. I think there's maybe one or two. I think our first year... 131 gigs. Jesus. Can I bring a hard... I can't... should bring a hard drive here and take all that. Connor, he's got, like, all of them. 
You're like Ken Burns. You're like a historian. Better hair. Way better hair. Yeah, I'm gonna bring a hard drive next to Terry Withers. I won't be here for the final one. Really? Oh, that stinks. I'm working in the That stinks. Next FunCon, a podcast fest. And you're on a podcast? Oh, really? That's so funny. We were just talking. Do you know the? You know my brother, my brother, my brother, and me. The podcast. They're part of Max Fun. I think they're doing Max Fun Con. Yep, yep. But I work with those guys, and they were just tweeting. We were just talking about their podcast. Oh, you were a minute ago. Yeah. So say hey to them at Max Fun Con. I'll be the main tech. Oh, that's great. I was the tech for the first one they did at on the East Max Fun Con East. Right. It was four years ago. Oh, wow. And then they were like, oh, we're going to come do it the next year, and they canceled that. And I, I didn't know they canceled it, so I thought they just didn't like me for the past right. four years. Well, I didn't you're realize. a great tech. You're one of the best techs there is. It was true. Uh, it was right when there was Hurricane Sandy was coming in. So it's like I was driving from Pennsylvania back to return the equipment right before the subway shut down. I Ooh, think I remember you telling me that story. Sandy came in. How does the order go now with Cage Match? Is it... You go first. The challenger goes first? Challenger always goes first. Okay. You want to give me your mic? Yeah. So you can, I'll walk, I can walk back and say hi. Okay. But then I'll take it from you. All right. And I'll try to record as much as I can. Okay. I think it'd be fun to hear. We've never really had improv. On the podcast? On the podcast. Hey. Hello. Hello. going to record it from the booth, but I can wear this on stage if you want. I think that's great. Should I wear this on stage? Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's like, go for it. All right. Have you, uh, Diddy, have, are you going to talk as the... They already asked them not to um, bring audience members on stage to slap. Oh, now they'll... Now I think we we're going to keep the lob on Connor. Okay. So you can hear the one... Oh, we're going to hear all... We'll hear you never laugh. Yeah. You'll hear me be like, yeah, black him out now. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's twenty five dollars. Alex is like, you don't black out the show. It's a time. I'm like, just, 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 just do it. Just do it. Trust me. Uh, <clears> but you know what? You, you could suggest uh, blackout songs. That's something that you can do. Finally, I can have an impact on this. After every scene, every yeah. scene, get this ready. Okay, get this ready. Get this ready. Yeah, every scene. That wouldn't song that Jay you chose. Cue up, cue up, Caribbean Queen. Yeah. Literally every sixty seconds, Caribbean Queen, regardless yeah. of what's happening. That's, That's our form. That's our form. It's like uh, what's, what's, what's that? What's that form soundtrack? A soundtrack, but where every song is Caribbean Queen, and there's no there. It's all just predetermined timing. It's yeah. all. <laughs> People would like throw up in their seats. Yeah. And then vote for us because they threw up a cage match and they've never yeah. done that before. It was awesome. <laughs> really pushing the boundaries. A lot of art is about bringing out emotions and, and bodily fluids. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. She didn't do it. Also, also, she didn't come. I can. She and Connor were okay. 
your third love. I can't wait. My thing I'm looking forward to is hearing Connor breathe on the back line. <laughs> what about breathing just right now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good scene. Yeah. <laughs> just whispering while you're in the back line. Shan's doing a walk on, is it? <laughs> She's like a pelican who's doing meth. Yeah. You just hear her be like, that's not the move she was going for. Yeah. When, when did this day start? What time? Uh, 2 p.m. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. That means you have to stay awake. Yeah, we started late. Well, I mean, we're already up late for this, right? I know, but Only a few more hours. Listen, it's fine, guys. Okay. No, we started much later than we wanted to. Let me get some trailers. No, that's my fault. I had work stuff to do. That's fine, though. Look at that. Right now. <laughs> my cap show app dropped. Huh? Your cap show episode. No, yeah? Is out there, yeah. Oh, my God. I got to see it. Your greatness. Oh, man. It's so... That was such a wonderful experience. Oh, I'm glad. It really was. Oh, I will take a little... Um, yeah, that was so great. You got to come back and do more if we end up doing more. Hey, if you do more, bring yeah. me up. You're great. I think we watched... I think you guys did, like, 20 minutes. And I was watching the edit. It was... The funniest shit we're all cracking up. It's so funny. How much do you censor yourself when you know you're doing this podcast? Have you ever had to censor me? Yes. What? Back when you made me censor every time you mentioned where you worked. Oh, yeah. But, uh... (laughs) Okay, I'm going to say it, and you can bleep it out. Uh, oh yeah, it's no, it's yeah. Now it was a, it's yeah. now okay because you no longer work there. Yeah, it was to it was to stop people from coming to the store and talking to me while I was at work. Oh, would that happen? Yeah. Oh, but now you worked at 16 handles on uh, 19th. That's right, but you got to be there right when they open or right when they close. Because because Con, Connor you load up wipes them. He wipes the. He, he loads and then drains the light. Yeah. Connor has just the one flavor that he made himself that he yeah. sells specifically to them. Yeah. Uh, and I, Elvis Custard. Custard. Elvis Custard. I love it. How much? How much of your day so far has been off of that crazy ass retweet that you got? Not a retweet, just a like. But just a like. But he's only liked thirty-four tweets in seven years. Wow. And several of those when I looked through were his own, or like I think when he was he early, I think it was like early on when he was like Don't figuring out how to use it. <laughs> what? I just made a really funny pun and I was just making sure Judy oh, was going to edit good. it out. I said you're an Elvis Costurdo. <laughs> no, JD, keep it. I, like, I repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. Edit it out, but it's Elvis I got a good take. Elvis Costfellow? See, you can make a pun and be kind. Elvis Alexandra yeah, Dixon, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Just keep it out. Keep it rolling. Tell us that he was But that's still very cool. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So wait, so Elvis like, Costello liked yeah. your... Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Awesome. Like his happy birthday tweet. Who was the last... Who was the last person oh. whose tweet Elvis Costello liked? Prior to that, it was Keith Richards. A month, <laughs> a, a, a month ago, yeah. Holy shit. And yeah. was it when he liked you, then you're like, oh, what else have you liked? Or have you, did you already know? No, no. I, that's when I was, like, looking to see, like, does he... Because sometimes you'll... There'll be people who just, like, go through and like any mention, sort of, that's nice. Like a PR and person. then I was looking to see, and the last one was Keith Richards, and I was like... And it was August 3rd, and I was like, oh, So I started well, scrolling. how often does Elvis Custard... How often does Colonel Mustard tweet? Um, not all the time, but, like, usually... Is it just to promote stuff? 
Sometimes. Did it, you tweet today at all? I didn't look to see if he tweeted today. Oh, you hear that, Elvis Costello? <laughs> if he listened this deep into the podcast uh, and, di- and didn't one turn one. off after all of the puns. Your own birthday. Connor didn't even look to see if you yeah. tweeted. Hi, Elvis. I love, uh, I love the idea that Elvis Costello is like, this guy has a nice tweet. Let me look him up. Oh, he's got a 12-hour podcast. Okay. Let me listen to him. I don't think I can. And he doesn't hear well, about him until, okay. like, until like nine hours in. Nine, he stops nine, nine hours in, he finds out that I didn't look at his tweets of the day, and it's like, I listen to this. Thank you, too. What happens? How much of a thing is there at the top? Three, four minutes. Three or four minutes. Oh, so you... Oh, JD, you literally have the same duo of wireless labs that I do. I have that Sony. Everybody's and I getting have that now. That Sennheiser. I borrowed the Sennheiser, and I have another older Sony. Oh, that is the older Sony. Well, the older Sony is still very good. I like the, I like the Sony okay. better than the Sennheisers. How are you doing? Yeah. Good. How are talking to Pat Bear right now. Yes. Yeah, hello. I haven't been on this theater. podcast since our Christmas uh, episode. That's right. Yeah. Well, Metal Pay. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. What's energy like out there? Good. I like the Metal Pay. Good. 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 Exactly. Which for shit like this, you want something that you can fucking see. They've been doing really, really well. Yes. I just great work. got yeah. the Zoom H6 before I was on the Tascam 2 channel, but I went Zoom H6 to get that 4 channel. It's been nice. Not this time. No, this team is Yeah, for a backup track. Of the moment because it's the right moment. Because the right moment. Yeah. But it's been nice. That's great. And because it takes USB power, I can use external USB, USB like cell phone chargers and then just cycle through those. Exactly. And this Porter Brace is built for this, so it's a little easier. Porter Brace makes really good beds. You know what they, they, they uh, anyone who works at Porter Brace has to learn how to sew. Right. They go through a class and you feel so bad. Craftsmanship. That's cool. And I had a friend who worked in there, like, designing and, like, he's a little had to really know how to sew. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll go follow them. Have a great show, guys. You're gonna fucking crush it. Alright, we're uh, backstage now. Walking back to the backstage area of Chelsea. Oh, people are really excited. Can we get a drink and a hail? Hail! One more time, can we get a hail? Hail! Holy shit, Chugger We are sold out 15,000 strong. That was the one where we lost only one go. Yeah. I thought we weren't getting asked back. I thought they weren't going to ask us back. Because we lost so badly. Yeah. We're all back. Literally this morning. And we're here for and I like looked at my. I mean, I'm excited to do the show. But I just like, what is it like you're like, 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 I don't know. 
Elvis cast an These are the hosts of Cage Match. Setting up the show. Connor and the stepbrothers are backstage. I'm in the booth watching the packed house. It's a packed house. It's a funny word. And we realize we have a bunch of dumb characters. This is for the wackadoo division. And, and the challenger, though, the wackadoo challenger is one of the interns. Interns. Fathers walk out on the stage. Lights are flashing. People are clapping and going nuts. Shannon is taking the front. Connor is to her left. Alex is waving her arms to the right behind her. Shannon has her arms behind her back. People listening to the podcast will hear that and hear that people like it. Well, not that many. Yeah. No, but they have to listen. They're, they're like eight hours in. They'll hear that nice little round of applause and they'll think, oh, good, I'm not alone. Anyway, so it's a 12, literally 12 hours that they record this podcast for, and uh, they have to do it until 2 a.m. So Connor's wearing a lot for that. So we just lost votes. Great. <laughs> 
look great, but I really think I'm looking good. You know what I mean? Do you understand the distinction? <laughs> Rita, what is up with you today? <laughs> look, we go on in ten minutes, and I just need to wrap my head around it, because when I'm on stage with you, I want to be like, I'm on stage with Rita, but you seem like a new person. Something happened to me this morning. <laughs> Rita? Yeah. Spit it out, girl! No, I don't think I should. I think I've said too much already. <laughs> You know that diner that we went to? with me. Right. Like, Isn't it weird when you get older, you're like, I used to be able to just fucking house disco fries, and now it's like, is it the gravy, is it the fries, because something, and then you're like, well, I'm 28, <laughs> getting up there. <laughs> I'm sorry, interrupt it. <laughs> it's okay, I, I haven't gotten older. casting directors, you can be real with me. <laughs> I am being real with you. I haven't gotten older. Wait, is this part of the disco fry panty no. story? No, no, <laughs> Wait, Rita, you haven't gotten older since when? Because you did not come out of your mama's vagina like that. <laughs> no, I mean, I've stopped aging. Tasha, do you remember that scientist? Of course I remember that scientist! He was a fucking dreamboat! He has a machine. Rita. Yes. He has a machine. It's a rejuvenator. But it has side effects, Tasha. It has side effects. Like you can't process disco fries? I can't process disco fries. <laughs> Wait. Listen, Rita, I'm going to put you in this machine and you'll stop aging. 
But there's a side effect. <laughs> what is it? What's the side effect? Well, let me put it this way, okay? In most states, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> God, don't leave me in suspense. What's going to happen if I go in that machine? You'll stop aging, but you'll never be able to process disco trucks. What, what is this? <laughs> and then you did your nervous chicken move. I did. I got so nervous. Is that why you didn't end up sleeping with him? Because, oh my God, why didn't you sleep with him? We did everything but... <laughs> of sleeping with is anal? Did you do anal with the scientist? Yes, we did anal. We did, we did anal. We did everything except vaginal to penis intercourse. Oh my god, I knew okay. Now that all of your important holes have had my dick in it. for the machine. Oh, God. I hope you're right. I'm nervous. Well, I'm going to have to strap you down because if you do that, bad, even worse <laughs> stuff will happen, okay? You won't be able to process Scrapple. <laughs> okay. Uh, go ahead. How should I? How do I? Well, you sit in the... You sit on the chair. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. And then what will happen is I'm going to uh, flip the switch and uh, your body will be, uh, how can I say this? Um, oh, I'm not, oh, God. Uh, uh, destroyed, okay? Destroyed. <laughs> oh, my God, Rita! Yes. And you went through it with it anyway? Yes. But what would have happened to your acting career if your body had been destroyed? That was a risk I was willing to take. Rita! No, I'm sorry. Yeah, your acting career will be fine. There's nothing... Uh, that's, I don't want to be insulting, but you'll still be able to do what you did, okay? Thank you, Thank you Dr. Jefferson. Now, your body is going to, again, the machine will destroy your body. It's going to suck it up through the, the tube above you, and then they'll spit you back out. Oh my god, it was like when you go to a bank before ATMs existed. Yes, yes, just like it was that. magic. You were like a, a tennis ball holder of checks. Yes, yes. Rita, I can't believe you didn't tell me the story the minute I saw you. I... And originally you were just going to tell me about disco fries. Rita, I thought we were BFFs. Oh god, no. It's been one year today. One year. 
aged since we were in My Fair Lady together at Paper Mill Playhouse. You see, that's what I was trying to tell you. I, I always look great, but today, today I'm looking good. See, the greatness, the greatness is always there. It's frozen, frozen in time. But the goodness, well, that's the part you don't realize you're going to miss. Do you understand the distinction? No. Tasha. Tasha, oh. I am a vapid person. What is in there? I don't... Tasha, Tasha, I need you to go to Dr. Jefferson. He can help you. You are so dumb. (laughs) Tasha. He can help with vapidness, too? Tasha, he's a scientist, Tasha. He's a scientist. (laughs) Rita, I'm scared. No, Tasha, don't be scared. What if I go there and he doesn't want just have a better one than I do. Rita, your feet aren't touching the floor anymore. This old, old phone book. Rita. Dr. Jeffries fixed my vapidness, but he told me there were no side effects. I don't believe him anymore. What's going to happen to me and my career? Ah! <laughs> 
Touch and you'll be fine. Touch and you'll be fine, I'm sure. It's hard to breathe in your pocket. Uh, <laughs> 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 
Oh, oh, Dr. Jeffries. Oh, oh. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. Oh. Rita, your body will once again be destroyed. What? And what? You're going to be sucked up in the tube you came out and shot back down into the other chair. But you will have aged three times and grown four. <laughs> what? What? Live the life of a. Well, you could either die, because eventually you will just disappear. Oh. Or you could be uh, six. I don't, I don't know how old. Whatever. <laughs> 27 times three? Yes, 27 Hold on, times I'm not back three. Hold anymore. 81 year old. That's right, I knew it. 81 year old, uh, 360 pounds. Is that what you want, Rita? No, you know that's not what I want. Rita, think carefully! Talk to Jeffries, please. You could this die, is... or you could continue to live another two to three years. <laughs> oh. It's your choice, Rita. It's always been your choice. Oh. If she I've lived nothing... to 81, will she live longer than two to three years? So she's 81? You know? I'm just, based on, based on the genetic testing I did on Rita, she will be dead by 84. So either way, the curse is still on me. I lose a friend. But you lose a friend in, I don't know, like six hours? Or oh, my God, if I could have a solving, she would live for three more years. Rita, no, I'm saying. you got to pick 81. I need you, I girl. don't know. I don't know. Rita, listen to me. Oh, that's 
swag from the premiere of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Dr. Jeffries, please, just, please. Oh my God, Rita, please. you burst through all of your clothing and you're completely new. Oh, oh. Dr. Jeffries. Oh so, no. What? It's still the size of a straw. What? Oh. Well, that's fine. Oh. No, no. Dr. Jeffries, please, please. It's just, just once. I must, I must know the touch, I must know the touch of a man. I must know. There. Do you know? Dr. Jeffries, please. Wait, what are you, a virgin? You're a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> right, you've got to tell me more stuff. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. Oh, I was embarrassed. Uh, That's why I was so willing. I was so willing to do whatever you wanted. Hoping that at some point it would lead to the vagina. I thought by process of elimination that eventually we'd get there. <laughs> I thought it was the scientific method. I thought he was just going through the list and eventually we would get to the inevitable. Coitus of Peter's in the vagina. Peter's in the vagina. any sort of heart or soul? I didn't. <laughs> Fuck you. In your vagina. Because I was scared your little chicken twitch would snap it off. Is <laughs> your penis that delicate? <laughs> Yes, I fuck so many women. It's oh my God. practically just an eggshell at this point. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? You're not helping your case. It's skill. Dr. Jeffries, don't you see? We were both afraid. I was afraid. And you were afraid. You are all, bo you're both very dramatic. <laughs> Charged you for any of this. <laughs> I have an actual. She's in all of her holes. No, 
all but one. Rita, we don't need this man. We can find you someone else to touch your tiny, tiny vagina. Come on. Get up. Yes. I would like one large order of disco fries. No. Two large orders of disco fries. One for me and for my B. F. F. What is hap what's happening? Frank <laughs> show? No. Far from it. You are witnessing two friends. Your eyes look familiar. Yeah. You're that woman that I watched eat disco fries out of her panties when I returned them? set has ended and they're doing the fake wrestling. I'm telling you, Shan. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Perfect audio. Perfect audio? Just oh, screaming into that mic? No, it actually was great. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Guys, can you tell me like the beats that you did so like we can just do second or third to that? Mostly we were ripping stuff from the headlines. So like we did a lot of, yeah. It was all like, just pick up a paper and look at the, above the fold, below the fold, that's like first beats, second beats, and then third beats, just the weather page wow. on the back. Third beats are just the weather just page Just the weather the page, yeah. Because the weather connects us all. All the news stories are under that. That's why there was a newspaper on stage. That's right. <laughs> okay. I love we it. literally ripped from the headlines. Literally ripped from the headlines. Have a good show, guys. Have a great set. Yeah. Oh, I should have asked for a straw. Mm. Well, oh, wow. Well, the podcast audience knows. Yeah, the podcast audience hears what happens after improv shows now, which is like, <laughs> oh, should have done this, should have done this, should have yeah. done this. No, it was perfect. It was a good set. Yeah. I like, <laughs> I like any set where it gets a little emotional at some point. <laughs> and okay. yeah. and bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.
question and do you have work emails that you're answering now? No, I was just looking, but I'm not going to, I'm going to clock out. It's 11.30, I'll clock out. Clock out for the night. Clock out with my cock out. Whoa. It's a good time to clock out. Plus or minus five hours. Your emails stay a steady consistency throughout the day, or do you have like, is it nine no. to five? Is like busier. It's more like a. Um, if you. It depends when I also sent. You send an email, you get two. You know, you get two in return. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, I know what you mean. Oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, because the first one's like real angry, and the second one's like, sorry, Shannon, I didn't mean that. I mean, most people are like not sending, I don't, I think like after 12, I probably start getting, I don't really start getting them at like 9 a.m. right When you wake up in the morning and you have emails from through the night, do you ever think like, does it affect the way you read the email if someone's like, Shannon, I'm working on such and such thing, and you're like, they sent this at 3.30 a.m.? No, because I send emails. I don't respond to work emails after 10 p.m. Well, I don't, I now have a thing where I don't, I don't go to the office till uh, 2. It's my new rule. Oh, interesting. So I'm trying to make my day, I'll do like an hour in the morning, like, like in the morning, and then I, uh, it depends on the day. Today my day got all fucked up because I forgot to leave a key for my dog walker, so I had to like. Oh, that's right. frustrating. Go back, so I, so I was at the office working until like ten thirty. What I, I don't like is that I have from like nine a.m. on a phone call or a meeting all day. So if I get a late start, that means I'm stuck at home until <coughs> one p.m. or something. Yeah. And then I can come into the city. Because otherwise it's just like phone call, phone call, phone call, phone call. Yeah. My new rule is really like no meetings until after two. That's smart. I'm just at the theater late often, so. It's too much. It's too much. I need to be Yeah, I've really been trying to get put myself on a schedule, which I've been able to do the past couple weeks. In bed at two, wake up at nine. Get my bag real quick. If I can go to bed earlier, I will. Or if I'm not in bed and it's like if it's like one forty five and I'm like Carve out 90 minutes for the finale. What's that? The finale is like 90 minutes. It's gotta be. I don't know. What, I mean, I don't know. It should be five hours. Yeah. You know that judge who presided over that Stanford rape case? Uh huh. Who gave the like, funding incentives? 
probably just because the dude was like a swimmer and whatever. He, uh, probably because of all the public pressure, he stepped down and he's never doing a criminal case again. Yay! It's good news. Great, but now let's like, you know, make sure that's not just. Okay. It's going to keep happening. They, they just did. They just did it a second ago. Yeah. It was interesting. I mean, like it might, but it's now like TV speaker to mic to mic. It was interesting hearing what it was like from Connor's perspective out there. Like it's it does sound like it's like You're in his head? yeah in the head of a singular improviser. You're saying I'm going to see you. Want me to put it here? Yeah. Or if you want to talk, you can talk into it. No, I can talk too. Great. I'm going to do commentary. So far, I can't hear anything. <laughs> can you hear? Too busy. It's fun though because people listen. Which yeah. we we're just talking about that. It's like we never expected people to like actually listen. It's it like almost is like a an experiment, experiment, stunt, dare thing. Well, I think what this is is a challenge. Yeah. It'd be like like for like a someone who's like a completist. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, ooh, I'm going to listen to it all 12 hours to be like... So there's a couple people that I know, when it was more frequent, they would, the moment it uh, came out, they would just like sit their headphones and listen to it. That'd be like, the thing, they'd like lay in their bed and just listen to it. For a lot of people, it's background ambient when they sleep or when they're working, or when they're commuting. Yeah, and exactly. some people. And that's why they can listen to it a bunch of times, is because they hear different parts. And some some people will listen to it just like as if it's like an hour here, an hour there, almost like it's like they have twelve episodes of it. Right. And it's just like on their commute, listen to a little on the way here, a little on the way back. Yeah. Like, I think when Will was listening to it, he was doing yeah. it like that would just be, he'd be on his, he'd be driving and listen to it a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. But then he said there's a moment where it was just me silently eating for like five minutes and he realized he'd been driving to the sound of me silently eating. And he was like, <laughs> I think I'm done here. I think, I've, I think I'm good. But he'll have to listen to this one. If I lived in a 
Yes. Very. Oh. Can't pay attention. Should we talk about him? We'll do it on another one. Because we didn't really talk, we didn't really go into that direction. No. But his music video, I always watched and I really like the DIY one that he did for. Uh, yeah, uh, can't keep Johnny down. Can't keep Johnny down. Yeah, I can only do music when I drive. If I have to focus on something else. Right. Yeah. It's too much for my brain. I've started trying to commute, not listen to anything. Just as like a way to just like be in my own be in my own thoughts for a little bit. Yeah. It's easy to block out the rest of the world, and then you're like, "All oh, right, I should be taking in this world stuff." So what are you guys gonna do for like from like midnight to two a.m.? Probably talk. I talk. Talk and walk. Um. Just walk around, or you're going somewhere. Just walk around. We'll probably head back towards because we both take the train to Queensboro Plaza, and then I take the N, and he takes the Q. Yeah. Uh, you could, you could probably like walk to Queensboro Plaza. Probably could. That's a good idea. It's a nice night. Yeah. Yeah. How long would it take? <laughs> uh, from here would take. I'm gonna guess an hour fifteen. Yeah. I think it's gonna be like an hour twenty. Let's see. I like walking across the bridge though. Yeah. And when you get across that bridge, where? How far is it to Pizza Plaza? You get off right underneath it. Oh, really? You just take the steps up, yeah. Oh, okay. Do a lot of people walk across that at night? Not Hour not 13. Hour 13. What's that? Yes, we did. Oh no, you can't go over. You can't guess over. Can't what over what? The price right, you can't guess over. Ooh, if you walk over the. Oh, I'm sorry. Hour 13, if you take the um, the ferry. Oh, because sometimes if you put in the walking direction, sometimes you're just standing on the ferry. Or, or an hour 30 if you walk over the bridge. I don't know that the I don't know that the ferry uh, East River Ferry. Yeah. The East River Ferry. Yeah. Is that what people will start Definitely taking from? Like oh no, Williamsburg. Uh, they make a ferry set. for Williamsburg when the L goes down. Williamsburg. Oh no! I guess you just walk over the bridge. You know no, how the L's gonna go down? I think they're talking about starting a temporary ferry. Yeah. A temporary ferry? But I don't think so they figured out the economics of that yet. Yeah. So it's not like you could transport that many people on a ferry. Three shows yeah. on Friday night. So that same efficiency. Actually, I'm very happy they don't have to do this. I mean, that's gonna be a major problem. Oh yes. Yeah. 
I feel like it'll be a good time to move to Williamsburg to get, I think, like, rent. I think people will start to, like, move out so you can get, like, cheaper rent there to ride it out. Well, there'll just be no one moving to Williamsburg. Yeah. So there'll be a lot of... Right. Right. If you guys ride, let's say you get yourself a city bike membership, half hour. That's with cars, though, right? What? Oh, no, Queensboro Bridge no. has its own bike path. Oh. We'd be walking in the bike. What? Bike and walk lane. It's separated. That's where we did Carrie Crystal work. What? Carrie Crystal work. We did it over that bridge. I walk home sometimes. Yeah? Yeah. Mikey walks home, like, every day. Really? Yeah. That's how he would get to the ghetto shows. He'd walk to the studio and walk home. On his own? He'd walk to the studio by himself, and then I think, with his girlfriend, he would take the subway home. So we'll do that. Let's walk home. Okay. We'll walk to Queensboro Plaza. We can do that. Is it going to be weird on the bridge at 1 a.m.? Not so bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. You think it'll be risky or weird? I don't think so. Because you've got a lot of you got a lot of stuff. I did just spend a lot of money. Uh, I think it'll be fine. It'll probably mostly just be empty. We can also just walk up to Lexington Avenue and see if we want to continue to walk across the bridge. That's also a tricky thing, though, too, because it's one of those things where it's like, the difference between having like a subway car like all to yourself and being like one guy got on. Yeah. That it's like all it takes is together, Yeah. Like I said, I don't think there's gonna be like a creepy dude just hanging out the channel. Also I'll protect you, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> and look at this should we should we get a city bike and ride across the bridge? I don't have a city bike. You would rather ride a bike across the bridge uh, can't you just do a, like a half hour thing? Like, you have to have a membership? 
I also don't know if there's yeah. a city bike thing on the other side of the bridge. I don't know if we have them. I mean, there's none yeah. in Astoria. Oh, okay, yeah. No, that would there be a, are. There are. That would we be just bad added news. a bunch. We ride back. We find ourselves on the other side of the thing, and like, they don't have this over here. You just rode a city bike out of the city. My favorite was when they first came out. I, uh, we had a basketball game in Phil Jackson. I come, I walk up, and he's like shooting baskets. And he has all of his stuff like in the front seat of a city bike, and he has it leaned up against the like the fence. And I was like, "Phil, is this your city bike?" He's like, "Yeah, man. I just got the thing." And I was like, "You know, you gotta like return these like within like half an hour." And he's like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, like the idea is that like you return them right away." Like he like took it out and like leaned it on the fence. Yeah. And like as if it was his bike. Yeah, like these are great. Wait, you have yeah. Yeah. Then you push dock it, pull it, it, you pull dock it, it and then yeah, undock right, it. So if your so your commute from like home to work is over half an hour, you gotta know where to go to yeah. stop. And you gotta make sure that, that there's an open dock for you to dock it. That's yeah, like, like you could you could pull your I think bike. it should be forty five minutes. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think that's more reasonable. But and maybe it is. Hey, hey. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, we're just we're eight hours into our twelve-hour podcast. Are you almost ten hours in? Yeah, ten hours. Look at that. Time flies when you get it wrong. Time, time flies when you. Oh, Shannon. Shade. Yeah, what what I found is once you get past the six hour mark, the last six hours goes pretty fast. You pitching this to me? What? Are you pitching this to me? No, I'm just telling you because you were fascinated by how the time had gone. I found in every one that. No, I just was saying how he got it wrong. Oh, I see. Because you felt like it was only eight hours. Yeah, right. It seems like he felt like it was taking longer. Hey, Shannon, don't tell me what I'm feeling. Okay. Well, you're trying to tell me one thing, but what happened was a different thing to JD. I'm telling you. Uh, to me, it felt like only two hours had passed. But really, so much time had passed because time flies. Oh, yeah? 45 minutes for the membership? Mm. But also, it's, it'd be 12 bucks for you to get just do a day pass. So also, how What about if you just do... Did you tell JD about our city bike adventure? Yeah. That's how it's but at. you can do a half hour ride in DC, a single ride for two dollars. Oh, then I don't. I don't and know. And I heard I don't Connor. Know Connor was proud that he had the Uber. Wait. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was anxiety, but it was also like I was in charge of this little adventure, and I would have felt bad if I would ended up getting us mugged. Uh, right. I don't have those fears that you do, oddly, because I'm waiting. But if we had been stranded on the mall and just been like, just hang out till another, get another date. Yeah, to me that would have been like ten minutes of terror. Because like when you're in an area where there's no one around, I feel like oh, all it would take is like one person to come up and be the wrong person, you know? I guess 
Or one person with like a weapon. You know what I mean? That like. I mean, I understand there are reasons to be scared. I just never go there. Yeah. There's only a day pass, three day pass, or membership. How much is the membership? Um, it's fifteen bucks a month, or whatever that is. Okay. Hundred eighty a year. One fifty-five a year. One fifty-five. So then that means that you you could just get your own bike and hope it doesn't get stolen more than once every two years. This year it cost me 135 because they had a tune up. Like, like, if your bike is like in storage, yeah. you gotta bring it to bike shop so they're like. You can do that. You can do that your stuff your own. Yeah. It's not easy. Alex. Okay. I mean, like this year I'm paying 30 because they had to fix some ball bearings and the fan went there. Okay. You know how to do everything with your bike? I was big into bikes. Growing up, um, I get that. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. No, it's very easy. You can do it. Then you just gotta grease your chain, make sure all the links are tight, recalibrate your brakes. You have to tighten anything. Uh, as in. Uh, on the sides bring them in because what they'll do is they'll loosen out this way so it's not the links there's a little tool that you have that you just go give it all recalibrate your brakes do you have do you have disc brakes or do you have uh, cable brakes like do you have a thing that attaches to a cable little two little pads that grab your thing yeah so you just Adjust them so that the cables are the right length so that the discs, when you pull the thing, touch. Okay. Okay. Right. 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 I turned the right. volume up so that we could watch this, but we're not watching yeah, it. I feel that way. So it's just loud noise in the background. I feel that way about like my body also. <laughs> like, I should probably learn how my body works since I live in this thing. Shannon, how you doing? I'm doing great. That's good. Uh, Todd Bieber's got a cabin in Pennsylvania. Where is that? Like Poconos? I'm not 100% sure. It's not the Poconos. Hey, here's a big thing to have in my life. Get my first gray patch. Your first gray patch. Hmm. I'm the perfect person to tell about this. I don't even see it. Really? Yeah. 
Um, I just got a message from Opus saying, I didn't see you again. So for the podcast, the answer is armadillos. Armadillos for the podcast. Everybody, armadillos. Yeah, I did that. Well, I did that earlier when I was talking with Lou. Yes. Hundred percent. Happens all the time. Which is why. Let's I, talk about uh, Gethard Show season three. <laughs> you mean if something like that were to exist, were to happen theoretically? <laughs> Kidding. I don't know shit. No, but I. There Can was I turn a, the volume down now? Or are you still watching? One of them is tiny, and they're talking about yeah. hot dogs and straws. I kept forgetting what, what I wanted you to be. I mean, three times I was like, do this thing. Oh, wait, that's not what I want. Huh? In the show. I kept being like, don't go in this thing. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that is what I want you to do. Don't be old. Wait, wait, I do want you to be old. I kept forgetting what Rita wanted, or Tasha wanted Rita to I mean... I'm really beating myself <laughs> We just do the same set tomorrow at Stepfathers, and yeah, we'll just do what we, we want. Workshop we workshop it. See if we can, yeah, see how close we can get. How long do you think you can get away with that? Repeating? Yeah. Not very long. Not very long, just because... There'll the be at least one... I mean, I would feel like there's probably at least one person that's at the show tonight that would be there tomorrow. But yeah. would they say also, anything? it wouldn't be fun for us. No. Really um, I mean, I would maybe... Um, I think it would be fun to like, just like Inside not not caring, but like, I wouldn't do this, where I would do this, but like if we won cage match, like next week, just like do the same, try and do the same <laughs> set again. That's very funny. Um, I would, but it would only last like ten minutes because I'd forget so much of it. Right. Yeah. It, it would be fun to. It would be. Yeah. It would be fun to do like. To try to do it in a way where it would kind of melt itself because you would like you would, yeah, you would inevitably veer off and, and give yourself permission to veer off. The same show you saw last week. The stepfathers will attempt to do the same show week after week and fail every week. Yeah, it'd be like a game of self telephone. Yeah, yeah. The details are just like creep. Well, like there'd be interns who would be like the stepfathers. Like word would get out. I think it was like stepfathers yeah. did the same show tw- two weeks in a row. Like, I feel like somebody would say something and that it would be a, like a talked about thing. Like they did the same show. Yeah. Stepfathers, they have a bad habit as improvisers of just doing the same show. <laughs> I, yeah, I saw two shows this week, but one of them was the same as last week. Does this count? <laughs> yeah, or did I just see one show? I saw two shows, but they were the same. Does that just mean one show? Hey. 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 How you doing? Hey. Like, if we did. We, we did, did Cage. Cage. Oh, awesome. If we did the same show two Fridays in a row, but then sent word through the school that it didn't count for any of the improv students. If you saw both shows, you only get... You only, you only count four. as one show, that they didn't get it credited for their classes. That would be one way of building buzz for the show. I never yeah. understood that. But I, I don't s- think we have like a lot of students at our shows. I think there's some, probably. I used to go see weekend shows when I was a student. common for students to see weekend shows now than it used to be. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I remember someone tried to get credit in 101 
for watching the ASCAT DVD. <laughs> well, I caught somebody in my own class. I, uh, I was like, what shows did you see? And the guy, whatever show he said he saw, I was like, you saw that this week? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, that's weird, because that show didn't happen this week. Because it got canceled. It was like a show that had right. like got canceled. Oh, I remember you saying about this. Yeah. yeah. So I caught, and he was just like, oh. And I just was like, I got you. <laughs> Nailed. I did. I did like a little like got, got, gotcha <laughs> dance. That's so funny. And I was like, why? You didn't have, you didn't have to lie. You, st- you still have four weeks left to go see shows. Right. Go see it's like, why'd you have to lie? Sylvia said that she, one time, uh, she, well, this surprised me, actually. Sylvia said she often will grill her students, like, kind of, like, prove to me that you saw the show. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny because I don't picture Sylvia doing that. So she'll, they'll be like, I saw such and such, and she'll she'll make people talk about it. Uh, but then there was this one time where this guy was like, I'm just going to make it up. He was like, I saw Death by Gruber or something. And she believed him, but she was just like, oh, cool, how was the show? And he went... All right, I'm sorry, I didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> she caved. was like, I believe you. <laughs> caved. Me and Phil Jackson were the nerds in our 101, because it was our, the second week of our 101 was DCM, and he and I both went to DCM, and we're both like, this is amazing, and then watched like 20 shows straight, and so we yeah. came in, and we're like, uh, this, and this, and this. Well, because oh. they're like, how many shows did you see at DCM? And it was like, I think like 20. And they're like, 20? And it was like, yeah, this. And then Because back then you could just sit through the entire... Yeah, I did that probably the same DCM as you. I was in 201. And I remember there was someone else in the class who was kind of competitive with me about how many shows... Because it would always be me and this other They person. were competitive with you or you were competitive with them? No, they were very competitive with me. Interesting. Um, I was just going to see shows to see a bunch of shows, but... Uh, this girl was like very like how many you, well okay like if I saw one more than her that week she'd be hot and during during yeah during DCM just to the audience at home when her when she would talk to Connor apparently her body moved a like lot jelly. like jelly apparently um, she's just a fucking jello mold she looked like an upset muppet uh, but I, I do a lot of applause for us During that DCM, I remember uh, she saw a few more shows than I had. She'd seen like a lot of shows, but then she found out. uh, This is just for the listeners. But then she found out that the I had. It's hard to listen to what you're saying. Two shifts. There's just too much going on. I know. And it's also honestly, great, like honestly, Connor, you don't like it. not a great story. <laughs> honestly, like I don't the, care about the, this competitive show watching well, that happened ten if, years ago. If you ever want to hear the end of the story, you'll have to listen Wait, ten hours in. Yeah. 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 And I stopped listening the, to because she, I don't. You didn't like I it. I was like, what am I going to gain from this? And I'm tired, so I just let it all happen. Yeah. So. She had seen a There's few more shows than I had, but I had also like, worked a full shift Friday. I mean, Saturday. I learned what I needed to. You had to class with a fucking a plate of Jello. The class was in his kitchen. That's right. You want a plate of Jello? There was no other student. You want a plate of Jello? It was a plate for most shows. It was a plate of Jello that I brought to almost all of the shows that I saw, <laughs> and it would brag. To hey, me. this is Keith Haskell's. It is. 
She's referring, Shannon's referring to her lav mic that she's wearing. We went to Bethany's office. Pick it up. Ooh, Bethany Hall, creator of a television show. Exactly. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. What show? I don't think it's been well, announced yet. Oh, Dang. What's that? Oh, really? Did you audition? There you go. When's this coming out? Probably uh, three weeks. Oh. Well, Bethany sold the show. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I'm bummed the Olympics are over. Are they? I know. I love the Olympics. I love them too, and I just, it's like I would not, be, I didn't get to see enough. Here's what I didn't like. When I wanted to. I don't like when the Olympics are in our time zone, because then all the stuff's happening during the day. I like when they're in opposite time zone, because then you go home, and you can watch until like, at 3 a.m., I would keep the live stream on, it would be like, yeah. Olympic table tennis and you'd be like sleeping while like some adventure's going on and then you'd wake up to the morning to like oh my god something crazy happened and then also NBC then doesn't have this bizarre impulse to try to make it prime time drama television yeah have stupid Ryan Lochte interviews and things like that I hate that shit they just show the events just show the events. Just show the events. I just want to see the running. Running, running, running. I'm tired. I'm tired too. And I had coffee at like eight, and I'm like, well, yeah. No. I should have like a three-shot espresso latte at like eleven. Coffee really messes me up. I don't do coffee. I do. I try to take care of that body. Got out of shape though. Got to get back in shape. Back in basketball shape. It's a mixture. There's that, that fast twitch and that aerobic ability. Gotta get that strength back. Gotta get all of it back. When does the season start? We just lost our first playoff game, so it just ended. So the new, I think we have like three weeks until the new season. But then I'm in production for three weeks, so I'll miss a bunch of us. What are you in production for? Are you allowed to say? Yeah, CISO show. What is it? Uh, based on the podcast of my brother, my brother and me. It's about. Three brothers that do an advice podcast. They're from Huntington, West Virginia. So we're going back to their hometown to shoot the show. So you're going to be in Virginia for three weeks? Yeah. When does that start? After Labor Day? September, mid September. Huntington. So it's a reality show? Not reality. It's like, imagine like Gethard Show field pieces, but an entire show that's all just, imagine like Murph of Dreams, but in Got fact, it. each episode is a different kind of like. Attacking some bizarre idea. Okay. So like, doc style. But like setup situations exactly. that you know are like. Yeah. Yeah. But not reality. It's not reality because it's not like 
trying okay, to get you're mad fight. here and yeah. then this funny thing happens and then got it exactly like we're doing it all for real and what is your what is your what are you doing on the show are you show running it yeah show running and, and directing since it's a small oh, show hell yeah oh hell yeah oh hell yeah yeah yo yeah. shout out to Evan Shapiro shout out shout out see so shout out to Evan Shapiro Evan Shapiro Dan Kerstetter Anna Maria Sophia CISO shout out. Can I get a CISO shout out? Everybody listening to the 12 hour podcast right now, get on your Twitter and just tweet CISO shout Can I get a CISO shout out? Everybody tweet at Shannon O'Neill. CISO shout out. At Spotastic on Twitter. At Spotastic. CISO CISPO. CISPO shout out. CISPO shout out. Who is, what's this character's name? Is there really a scrotum hanging out of his shorts? Yeah, see that long. I saw it when you walked by us. There's like a long, it looks like fantasy Got it. It's so good. One long ball. One long ball. You don't, you're not going to be able to hear anything, Connor. We what? You can't really hear anything. I mean, go ahead. Do it. I'm thinking I announce it. Oh, that's what you want to hear. If we won or not. invested in whether we win or not. Returning cage match champions. Returning cage match champions? Yes. Congrats. I get to go to sleep. Sleepy time. It's good for the kids. I'm not, I don't have that com- the competitive... Uh, the fire. Fire anymore. Should I want some- everyone to have a good time. Yeah. See oh you next God. week. Two, two Alex, years in a row, the stepfathers are one week losers. That's right. I'm the proud. Thank you, Alex. Here you go. Thank you so much for letting me be loud and proud. Thank you. I think I'm the proud owner of one of the third worst cage match appearances of all time. What was that? Creature. Oh, yeah? Can't get out. Oh, boy. I mean, if we had done that here, we would have won. Yeah, but at what cost? Oh, uh-oh. I don't care. I mean, I spent all year writing that set for us tonight, and it didn't work. Every, none of us did. Wait, whose line is it anyways? Oh. Do they sit there and talk till everyone's gone? I think so. 
is a tech about to happen now? Otherwise, I'd be inclined to like, let's just the three of us go out there and do one more set for the last two people who are leaving. I'm going to stay and watch tech as part of our podcast. This is the tech podcast. 12 hour tech. Maybe he does like finals or something. Not after the accident. Oh. Can you give me a cell phone? Yeah. And the attached charger. Oh. You can unplug it. What room is this for you guys? There? Donka. Thank you. Good night. I'll take some. Where, where are you guys going now? We're going to walk back to Queens. You're walking back to Queens? We're going to try to get as far as we can. Well, because you have to take a ferry. I don't think you can like, walk. We can walk over to Queens, bro. Oh. Yeah. I don't like walking. Isn't it funny when you don't No, no. I'm going to unlock it because I do not want to walk. You can fly. A bridge walk is a treacher as well. Uh, you don't care about pedestrians. They drive onto the curb. Yeah. Well, you know. No, I'm that's separate. Pro- I bring mean, your bridge. Don't you just the counter. No, no, but. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. The motorcycle right. gang. Watch out for the queen. <laughs> 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 you can take. The, you can also take the subway, but it'll take the same amount of time. Because you counter MTA so much that they it won't. You're, it's just like, the karma. You have to stop counter. making the MTA and your ride. Get I don't really know. I just like read articles. But like, figure it out. Bye. Bye. Say hello. It's a real card. I don't know if it's real. It's just wet. I don't know what is happening. Did they say goodbye or did they just leave? They say goodbye. See Alex. Still rolling. What's that? Walking home. And then we're almost done. We'll see you, dude. See ya. I'll see you. Uh, I won't see you at Carrie Weathers, but I'll see you around, sh- I'm sure, other times. What's that? Maybe there'll be a special Christmas episode. I know. Oh, we should. Uh, special reprise. Exactly. Rerun? Come on, Connor. Connor. Bye, bye, bye. Thank you. Connor, why'd you... Connor went outside, even though he knows the transmitter can't go that far. So now he's alone. Peeing with no cover. But that's fine. That's part of the joys of the 12-hour day. 
Alright, I'll get back over there. Because I bet right now he's realizing that he's left me. I hate these stupid blowers. That's... Hey, you can... Oh, JD, are you still recording? Yeah, still in it. Oh, man. Are you on McManus? No, we got an hour left, so we're going to walk back to Queens. Oh, wonderful. And we're there. You. you too. I'll see ya. Oops, sorry. I'm sorry. This is our twelfth. Like, this is our twelfth episode. Do you guys normally like? This is the first time you've been this late. Yeah. We usually start at like ten or eleven. Or and sometimes then, we've tried to start at ten or eleven, but the latest we've ended up is like midnight or one. So you're gonna be like maybe an hour or two. Yeah. I mean, by the time we we'll, we'll get to Queensboro and we'll probably hang out until it's two, and then just be like, okay, we're done. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Let's see. And if it, for some reason, if we've ever fallen short or there's been like dropouts in the recording, then we'll record extra things to pad it. But that's only happened a few times where there's been like something goes wrong with the receiver and we lose like 20 minutes or something. Right. We'll see how we're feeling. I'm fascinated about this one. But more often we've gone long. Our yeah. pattern has been that we actually record for like 13 hours. Because like maybe because like that last hour you're just like it all kind of bleeds into each other. Yeah. Exactly. Or we find ourselves wrapping up and we're like, well now we got to go home, and they're like, well the train's not here. Okay, well, that's another 20 minutes, you know. So, uh, or we get you get on a roll talking about something right at 12 hours, and then uh, and then yeah. it bleeds. Yeah. I'll give you some things to talk about. I know you guys may not watch it. But the new season of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars is. Today. I haven't watched it. it I'm, really all, is, I'm it, all about Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, America's Next Top Model. I can't. I can't. I, uh, Next it got canceled. But Bachelor's still going strong. Um, Bachelor's back in. Drag Race is subversive reality television. I hear it's really good. Yes. It re- it's, it's, it's just got its first Emmy nomination, but I felt like it was too good to. Right. Like, it should have got it earlier, but people are not picking up on it. Right. I'll check that out. I mean, you know what? Next episode, like, watch a couple episodes. Talk about it. Okay. Okay. Because it's really my, one of my favorite TV shows. I'm into that. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy how aware the producers are of the fact that they're making a reality television show. Yeah. And, like, do small little things to the, to the like, the form of Right. It, to yeah. sort of, like, break it and, like... Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love that stuff. Yeah. I love it. All right, let's do it. Sit, Chrissy. It was a pleasure. What's that? Uh, I think you're out of batteries or something. Oh, yeah, it's flashing. I knew it. Ah, oh, fuck. Ah, oh, fuck. I just got this all set up. There, you hold on to this. Uh, 
everywhere you want it, that's the way you need it, anywhere you want it, baby, baby, dude. These are the old batteries. What the? Take those. Anywhere you want it, that's the way we need it, anywhere you want it, da 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 Let's go with this. Back in action. Back in action. Looney Tunes. Okay. This goes on. Now this goes on. Now and we this goes are on. good to go. Let's get a test, 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 JD. test, test, Connor. We're good. We're Looney Tunes, baby. We are Looney Tunes. All right. All right. Let's rock. Let's rock a jock basketball. Let's roll it. Um. Well. All right. All right, Connor. Yeah. So we got some more questions that came in. Oh, yeah. Well, like what? I just saw a, an alert that Twitter is all... A all Twitter? Right. We got... Who is the last person you said I love you to from Orlando? My mom. Um, probably my mom as well. Um, although I haven't spoken to her this week, I'm trying to think. There's a chance. I don't think I've been in a relationship where I've love has been confessed. Is that, really? Is that Nick Wersio? Hey, it is. Nicky boy. Yeah, 12 hour day. Hey guys, how's it going? I've got some Snickers bar in my mouth. It, is, that, is that a Snickers bar or is that one of the ice cream ones? The, uh, those Snickers ice cream bars are great. Are so good. They are, I think, one of the most underrated ice cream treats. treats. There's literally no, there's no heat on them whatsoever. It's not talked about. I think they were talked about briefly when they came out. Yeah. But it's one of these snacks that's like... Good. They never needed to talk about it again. Right. And it's probably only something that's really sold during the summer, but I see them year-round. And you're getting down to the best part, which is that last bite. Yeah. Where the caramel and the peanut and the ice cream, it's also all melty together. Man, you're doing it right. Doing it right. Nick, what are you up to tonight? Well, I'm just going to go home. I got a new game called Depth. Hey, I was on that email chain where I was talking yeah, about yeah, playing yeah. that. How is it? You should play it. It's really cool. It's in like an asymmetrical first-person shooter type game, like kind of like Evolve. It's like a new one. I'll play it tomorrow night with you guys. Okay, cool. Corey just got it. So, uh, so Wait, is it PC or is it? I think it's Steam. So like, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it. PC or Mac if you have. Uh, so it's like two people are sharks. And, um, Does she like that team? 
uh, two, four people are divers. Right. So four people kind of have to like escort this thing and like pick up treasure and stuff. <coughs> Sharks have to eat them. But it's actually a pretty cool system where it works. We'll, we'll play tomorrow. That's really fun. I've one of the things that I've enjoyed the most, I think, recently has been playing video games with friends, because I have so so little time that I get to spend with people that it's much easier to like I'll jump on Steam and just play a video game, but really just like chat over voice chat at the same time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Because it would be weird if you picked up your phone and you just called a friend and like you want to do like a three-way call with another friend and we'll just all sit, sit around and. You? you know, I do call friends to just talk. I try to do it, especially friends that have moved to LA. Alright, Nick. Good to see you, dude. Good night. Um, you don't think you've ever been in a relationship where you said I love you? I know I haven't. You know you haven't. Uh, uh, but, I'll throw this at you. Yeah. I, I believe I've been in love. You just didn't say it? Uh, or you yes. you weren't in a relationship with the person I was in a relationship with. with the person I Oh. Was it a long time ago? Yep. Yep, indeed. I have a lot of regrets. I think there's a chance, because I have been playing phone tag with my mom, that the last person I said it to might have been Anthony Atamanek. Really? Yeah. Because there was a point where recently we were hanging out and I hadn't seen him for a while. Oh, it was, it was when we did the Lucas, he was on the George Lucas talk show on the Saturday night. And then he for, we took an Uber back to Queens and I didn't realize how close he lives to me. Um, and... He went to his neighborhood first and then to my neighborhood, but then he left his phone in the Uber. And I got an alert. He asked the guy who ran the local, the, the store, his corner store that he was at, hey, can I borrow your phone Shit. and go on your Twitter? So I got a tweet from a complete stranger, a complete stranger's Twitter saying, hey, it's a Tamanek. I left my phone in your Uber. Get, can, you get, can you grab it? Interesting. Uh, it felt like a really like uh, a very modern way to solve that solution yeah like a very clever like quick thinking way of like I'll tweet at him and maybe he'll see it right because uh, otherwise it could just be lost in an Uber you know exactly and but then I ended up going over just taking an Uber back over to his neighborhood uh, and then hanging out there for a little while it's a very nice ended up being a very nice evening uh but I, only, I, I didn't realize, like, there's a Best Buy that I w can walk to from Woodside. That's yes. on, like, Northern Boulevard there. And he lives not far from that Best Buy. Like, he lives in, the, like, one neighborhood right. past it. To the point where I could easily walk to his house. So under what context did you say you loved him? Just at the end of the night. It had been, like, a nice evening. We'd done a show. And then we... We actually hung out for a couple of hours. It was a nice thing about doing what is normally a midnight show, which even on the few occasions where people have been willing, guests have been willing to, and, and in the mood to hang out at, at one in the morning on, the beast naturally just starts to shut down anyway. Yeah. Uh, but this was nice because 
all of us after the show hung out from like 8 o'clock until 10 or 10.30, like just hung out for a couple of hours after the show right. talking, which I was like, oh, this is like a nice experience um, doing this at this time instead of at midnight. Right. I mean, I've been okay with doing it at midnight up to now, largely because even though it's hard to book guests, I'm always fairly positive that when I do book a guest that they want to be there because otherwise they would have just said no. Right. That, like, there's something about, like, people turning out at midnight that is like, oh, they're eager to play. Right. Because they, they wouldn't agree to something so inconvenient otherwise. But so you said in your normal discourse with Anthony, Yeah. You just say, hey, I love you. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. I think he initiated it, but I, it was not unnatural or, hey... I kind of stopped this because in the trash there are cardboard cutouts of hobbits. Hobbits. No, I think that's good. They're like Connor, fairly full-size hobbits. Connor, I love you, Connor. Love you too, JD. You're one of my best friends, Connor. You're one of my best friends too. I'd actually, uh, I've been telling people that I love them more recently. Uh-huh. Because I alluded this when we were getting dinner with or lunch with John, but I feel like I've had a lot of people close to me pass away recently, uh-huh. and a few that were uh, very unexpected. People I mean, that you knew from what contexts? Just life. So, like Timmy is a great yeah. example. Timmy Wood. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast. No. Timmy Wood was a good friend, but a friend I didn't spend enough time with. But we text a lot. Uh huh. And then he passed away just suddenly. And he was a comedian, improviser, just all around good guy. And it was one of those things where just, I thought someone was doing a bit when they told me at work. Yeah, I thought, I just kept seeing things on Facebook that I saw that there was like the Timmy Wood Memorial, whatever, and I just assumed that it was a show that he was doing. But the thing is, the thing that got me was that, you know, when you see something and it's, it's like with anything where like, if you were to all of a sudden see people were tweeting about Oprah, but then everybody was tweeting about Oprah, you would know, well, there's, it's unlikely that everyone would be tweeting about Oprah, like, unless it was like something major had happened. Yeah. Uh, so. So it was one of those things where I saw it and then once I started seeing that like, Ooh, everyone I know is tweeting, is, is reblogging the Timmy Wood Memorial thing. And I'm like, oh no, like this guy, like I was still in disbelief, like this can't be a real thing, can it? Yeah, I found out before the posting stuff, uh-huh. at a time when it was still, the details were a little fuzzy. Yeah. But then it was, still sort of kills me a little bit. It's sort of, uh, that day, like the day before, Timmy had texted me, and it was put in my mental queue. I have to text Timmy back. Yeah. And I have this sort of thing where, like, uh, when something's put in my mental queue, I can't get it out, you know? Yeah. I do it. Yeah. So even to this day, I'll be like, oh, I have to text Timmy back. Yeah. He's such a good guy, and he's a guy that we text all the time and talk about movies and email about movies and then go see movies. But he sent me a long text about 
a dream he had about me. And just... And in the dream, I was mad at him for something. Uh-huh. And he woke up feeling bad. And feeling like I was mad at him because of this dream. And so I like, was supposed to text him back. And I was going to be like, of course not, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, something like that happens. And that stuff happens, but that's why it's... I don't know. You realize how short... Yeah. And unexpected everything can be. Yeah. It sucks. I mean, that's... Largely why, like, I... I mean, I hate it when I do find myself in situations where I'm allowing myself to get stressed because I I do think that there's like uh, trying to avoid situations where I feel terrible yeah because I'm aware of the fact that like I don't have a major reason to feel terrible yeah it doesn't take much to kind of like put yourself in a position where you're anxious and you feel shitty and you're in a bad mood and you know it doesn't take much so I'm always like trying to be aware of uh, like reasons not to be you know yeah and I also feel like I always just want to make sure I'm appreciating the people around me yeah and that's sort of what I mentioned, oh, damn it. Uh, I mentioned this when talking with uh, John earlier. Was it's like that's also what sort of dictates how I choose my creative projects too. Yeah. Because I feel like life's too short. Yeah. To spend any second doing something that, if you have the if you have the opportunity, spend it doing something that you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I'm in, a, I'm in a position where I can luckily make decisions like that. And so what? if I go against it, I feel like I'm not taking advantage of a thing that I have that is uh, cool. Yeah. Nice thing to have. Yeah. So where do we cross over to get onto the bridge? 59th Street. Justin McElroy says, focus on the podcast. Please try to focus on the podcast. Hey, Justin. Hi, Justin. Please, please, please just let us be, my man. I know you're coming from this, the big, big world of podcasting. We're just little fish in your big pond, but just, just let us be. We're getting podcast bullied over here. Ooh. No. What did JD do? Read. That's my guess. Uh oh. What? That's a reference to something from a past episode I don't remember. Valerie says, "If I've only listened to three episodes, what should I do?" Let's say jump around. Jump around. Jump around. Jump around. Uh, Brian says. Is there really another 12-head in Missoula? Oh, people are finding each other. That, oh, I'm Valerie and Brian. You're going to become 12-head friends. 
It's going to cross over. We're very, we're very near the uh, Gethard Show offices. Yeah. From season two. We're here at 32nd and 5th Avenue. I'm not going to lie, Connor, I'm getting tired. Yeah, but maybe we won't walk. Well, we'll see. I'm just saying. I wouldn't mind getting to Grand Central and just going from there, you know what I mean? Yeah, I could do that. I like Grand Central. I'd like to walk from Grand Central. Take the 7 to Queensboro. Yeah. I'd be down. We only got an hour and 20 left anyway. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if we try to walk across the bridge at this point, we'll overshoot it. You know, time-wise? Yeah. yeah, I agree. Because I think we'll get done at... We'll get there and it'll be like closing in on 2.20, 2.30 and then waiting for a train. We push it all away, you know? I also don't want to go to sleep at like 4 a.m. That's what I mean. I have to get up and go to work tomorrow. Sorry. No, sorry. What do you mean, sorry? Yeah, I'm... This is a funny mirror to... When we started the podcast, uh-huh. and you'd have to get up early to go to work, and I wouldn't have anything to do. Yeah. Funny Mirror. That's the... Welcome that's the, to episode 12 of Funny Mirror. That, that's the part of the podcast where we hold a funny mirror up to our own reality. Funny Mirror, Funny Mirror, Funny Mirror, Funny Mirror, Dog turns into cat. Funny Mirror, turns into cat. Clown. Turns into math. Funny Ooh. mirror. Funny mirror. Cat turns into clown. Dog funny mirror. Turns funny into cow. Buddy mirror. Turns into hat. Funny mirror. Funny mirror. Boy. Turns into man. Funny mirror. Funny mirror. Funny mirror. Woman turns into ladle. Ladle mirror. Turns into cradle. Cradle turns into grave. Grave turns into babes. Babes. Turns turn into, into laves, laves, turn, turn into bunnies, bunnies, turn into clowns, clowns, turn into funnies, funnies, turn into mirrors, funny mirror, funny mirror, funny mirror, funny mirror. Good new segment. That was a great segment. Uh, oh. Even, even just the version of like this part of the walk, which is not even the real part of the walk no. we were planning. Just like walking up a slight incline after being up and about all day. Approaching Bryant Park is all. Hey, is your thing out of batteries again? No, I mean, I don't think so. How could it be? No, I'm full of great batteries. Okay. Let's go up to Bryant Park and see what's beautiful up there. I'm getting some weird static interference. Probably the fucking... Uh, I don't know. Probably. Uh oh. Those. Uh oh. What? I got some low blood sugar. Uh oh. I need to stop and get a water. Okay. The next convenience store will stop that. I might get one of those Snickers ice cream bars. Yeah, I could do that too. He talks about it. Made me want it. But we're in a. Stupid part of town if we want a refreshment right now. What about that place? Yeah, I guess. Let's do it.
You know that feeling when you have really low blood sugar? Yeah. That feeling when you have really low blood sugar? Yeah. But it's not a bad feeling because you're like, oh, it's gonna taste really good. You need something. We're now in a cafe. I don't think you're, they're gonna have your frozen drinks. I don't care. I'll get something, you know? What's that? I'll get something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Can I ask you a weird favor? Yeah. Can you get can yeah. you get these? Yes. Because I don't have what are you any uh, yeah, what do you want? cash. Pick whatever you want and as many of them as you want. Uh, you just want that? I'm going to get something. I'll get you anything you want. I know. I'm going to get something. You're my big some... boy and I will get you anything you want. Oh, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> I need something with sugar. Well, there's black and white cookie. You want to split yeah. a black and white cookie? I'd do that. I might just get a chocolate also. I'm going to get this instead of the ice cream tray. I'm going to get a New York City black and white cookie. I think that's smart. I'm going to get a... Uh... Don't hurry. We're not in any hurry. we got an hour and 45 minutes. An hour and 15 minutes. Look at this. All right. So we're going to get a Ritter Sport we milk can eat this butter. Here too. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you take a seat. Yeah. How you doing? 116. Okay, there you go. I don't need a bag, we're just gonna sit here, yeah. Guilty feeling I've got to know better. Thank you. You have a good night. Waste the chance that I had back given. Dance again, where I dance with you. Oh. Thank you, Connor. You're welcome, JD. I would have paid for bubbles in your water if you'd wanted it. No, I don't. You like those, I don't. I used to not. 
if I should move that show wonder if it would be better or worse if I like thinking about ending that show or not I wonder if at this point I asked to move it to a different slot or something I probably could at this point good job George Lucas talk show what slot just not midnight although there's a part of me that like I'm sort of like done for the night once I am right. sprayed up like that that it's kind of uh it's just as well to do it like that, but I think I'm just in a reflective. The ending of the Terry Withers mysteries has got me like, sort of looking at everything like, wait, wait, what? Which things? Which things? Sort of. Right. What's happening? I'm always, I'm always kind of amazed that there's things that are like, like in our lifetime, The number of times that a movie or a TV show have been affected by the death of a major actor in it seems like it less than I would predict it would be. Right. Right. Like when like John Ritter was doing that sitcom, uh, Ten Simple re- Reasons for Ten Simple Rules for Dating My Daughter or whatever it was. Right. Um, and then boom, just gone away, or like Phil Hartman on news radio, or things like that, like you can remember the examples, but I feel like it happens way less often than I would be afraid it would happen if I ran a show. Well, I think the thing to consider is that a show like that especially, well, I guess that's not true. What was not true? Well, that they're in production less than they are airing. But I just mean over like the run of a show. Right. So like you start a show and it's like mad about you. And they're like, this show only works if these two actors both remain alive. Right. And if anything happens to either of them, the show is ruined. You can't just suddenly Right. Like maybe on some shows you'd be worried about it, but you know that like, well, on ER if an actor died and I don't know that there was ever a time when an actor died and it affected that show given how long it ran I don't think there was ever an instance where it's like well this major actor died and it really we had to write him out of the show or whatever I don't think it ever happened to my memory and you would think anytime you have a show where it's like well we couldn't afford to lose any of these people like Law and Order is built in a way where if anybody dies and we'll be like, well, we just get another cop in there and you can keep right. it going. Um, yeah. But some shows where it's like, the family's the thing, you're like, well. I think it also do with the fact that so many acting roles are for people in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. I always used to imagine that if I ran a TV show, 
that every season, contractually, every actor would have to film something that looked like it was leading up to a death scene so that if they died in real life, you'd have that scene ready. Right. So maybe there'd just be one day where it's like, okay, we're going to go by the cliff and we're going to have all the actors stand and look as if they might jump off the cliff. How many working main character actors are there at any given time? I don't know. Especially now. Let's do some dumb math. Each network has how many running shows at a time? I mean, right now with streaming and with cable, average, it's way up. But they're also doing short runs, like get those thirteen episodes done. So each network has what? Twelve shows. That's probably more because they have sitcoms. You have Sunday night, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox. Now, some of these are rea- some nights you can take away because it's just reality, but like scripted. Right. Like, and if you have a sitcom block, then that suddenly doubles the number of like shows that are in peril. Right. Are you doing the math in your head? Yeah. Okay, let's say... Let's say then there's... 15 shows a network? Let's say, let's say just for the purposes of this exercise. And again, that's currently running... Scripted shows. shows. Scripted shows. I think that's too many, even. Yeah, go to like NBC's website. We'll go to NBC's website. I'll go to the drop down. All right. America's Got Talent. Reality. American Ninja Warrior. That's reality. Buddy Blake was just on that. America's Got Talent. American Ninja Warrior. That's reality. Okay, Aquarius, The Blacklist, Better Late Than Never, Blind Spot, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, Chicago PD, uh, The Good Place, Grim, Days of Our Lives, um, Law and Order SVU, uh, The Night Shift, uh, Shades of Blue, Superstore, This Is Us, that's it. Fifteen exactly. JD, that's why you're in the industry and I'm not. Um, okay, so then I just want to check to see now, now I'm curious about the other networks Shows, ABC Blackish uh, Oh, some of these are old shows uh, Fresh Off the Boat, The Goldbergs, Grey's Anatomy uh, Modern Family, Once Upon a Time Once Upon a Time in Wonderland Quantico, Ugly Betty, that's an old one Don't, don't count it That's it. Eight. Eight. So 15 was high. What's between 15 and eight? 12, my original guess. Um, CBS, 
Two Broke Girls, American Gothic, Angel from Hell, The Big Bang Theory, Blue Bloods, Brain Dead, Bull, uh, Code Black, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds Beyond Borders, CSI Crime Scene Investigation, CSI Cyber, Doubt, Elementary, Extant, The Good Wife, that's ended, take it away, Hawaii Five-O, Kevin Can Wait, Life in Pieces, Limitless, uh, Madam Secretary, Man with a Plan, Mom, NCIS, NCIS Los Angeles, NCIS New Orleans, The Odd Couple, uh, Scorpion, Zoo. 28? 28? Yeah. That's a lot. I think some of those might be either just ended or about to start. Right. But I would say 15 is a good average then. You're right. Okay, so 15. Couldn't have been more right. Times how many networks do you think are relevantly producing narrative um, scripted shows? I would say 20. Yeah, let's do that. So, 15 times 20 is 300, mm -hmm. right? Is that the math? I won't verify it. Yes, 300. Okay. So that means there's 300 shows at any given time. Yeah. How many main important characters per show do you think there are? I would say... Five? Five deep? Per show? No. More. Because some of those shows... Like a CSI show, you could replace almost anybody. An NCIS, you replace almost anybody. Whereas... Um, Big Bang Theory, maybe it's harder to... Even if you lose one, you still have most of them. You could have that news radio effect of like, oh, well, the Phil Hartman is gone. Right. It doesn't feel the but same. So how many actors are we worried about on average? Hard to say. I'm not good at this. More than five or less than five? I'll say three per show. On average. Three per show. So that's 900. We're talking about 900 people mm -hmm. that can't die. Mm -hmm. I bet you know more than 900 people. Maybe. How often have you had people unexpectedly pass away? Very rarely. So maybe it's about right. I mean, it is what it is. Right. I'm just always surprised by it. It always feels to me like when it happens, I'm always like, I'm surprised it isn't constantly happening. Right. Mm. But there's only 900 people that we're worried about. Mm. And they're all constantly uh, driving. Cars? Or being driven. Sure. 
But so is every human. I'm not always driving. Okay, you're right. But where the shows are made, they are. Right. Um... the sugar enter my body. The what? Sugar. Sugar enter your body? any shape for the next six months at all like any anything on the immediate horizon or anything that's like uh, any kind of plan or anything I don't really uh, I'm trying to think of fun election things to do uh, now, was that premeditated at all, or was that sort of a spur-of-the-moment thing? What thing? To throw your hat back in the ring. Mm-hmm. I thought about doing it uh, a few months back, because I was sort of planning... Uh, I was sort of planning, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, like, a final Olympics thing, and I was kind of like, well, what's fun? Like, what's a fun right. turn to do? And I was like, well, it's kind of hard to plan not knowing what's going to happen in August. Uh, and so there was a party that was considering, like, maybe I would sort of vanish from the scene for right. two weeks and try to do something virtual. Right. Um, but that seemed exhausting. And then... And then I thought it would be funny to announce an Olympic show where I'm going to Rio and then turn it during the show, just immediately concede that I'm... Well, because part of it was that, like, everybody kept, like, tweeting at me things like, you should be running this year, that right. sort of thing. And I was like, well, I would like to maybe do something that's that has fun with the election, but I also sort of feel like it was important to uh, 
have a take on it that was a little bit that was a little bit different or useful for it. And I kind of was like I was I was amused by the idea of because I think like back during the Jimmy McMilling debate, there was the point where I made the point where I was like, we're we're me and Jimmy McMillan are not being covered by the mainstream media, but they're wasting right. all this time pretending that Herman Cain and Rick Perry are still going to be in the race a year from now when we will be. Uh, right. And they and that was exactly what happened. And so I think I was watching this campaign and I was thinking like. What is the difference exactly? I was like, I'm amused by the idea that, like, even though I know the answer, um, that what is the difference between covering Ben Carson, right, who is clearly not going to be the nominee, but gets tons of coverage because, like, there's this weird attention blip. But everybody right. knows he was not. There was no way Ben right. Carson was ever going to be the nominee. But there's still all this press coverage, and my feeling was like, if you're going to cover people who aren't going to win right then why not like what is exactly the difference between covering someone who admits they're not going to win like in in a weird way i'm more pointless but i'm also the only one who's being honest about it that like jill stein and gary johnson are getting all this coverage now and they're both if if either of them were to say well i know i can't win they would lose all kinds of coverage right but they get covered because they go gary johnson goes on tv and says I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't honestly believe that I that we had a chance to win this. And right. I'm like, nobody thinks Gary Johnson is right. going to become president. And so there's like a weird. Um, and it was also like, oh, the number of people who just run for attention. So I thought like, oh, I've got kind of a good angle on it. Right. Uh, like it was almost. This is actually almost would have been a better thing for your entire Olympic thing because back then you were just like, just vote for Obama. Like, don't vote for me as a joke. Whereas now, I think there's this sense of like. No, I never told people to vote for Obama. Didn't you? No. No, I said I want to be president. I never told people to vote for Obama. I was mad when Noah voted for Obama. Because I also firmly didn't believe there was it was ever going to be close in 2012. Right. Like everyone who was like it's going to be close, I'm like it absolutely is not. And. For a solid year, I was like, if Romney's a nominee, this is a cakewalk because nobody likes Romney. I feel like Romney was a, was a little more, was re- I mean, of course he was. Mm-hmm. Romney Obama was a lot more reasonable of an election. It than- was a reasonable choice, but it was also like we already had a good president. So it was right. like, the reason, it, it won't be that Obama wins because Romney is a nightmare. Right. It'll be that he wins because people are generally people happy like with him. Yeah. But it also made it easier for me to be like, please vote for me. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what are you looking for? Just trash. Trash. But it's also it's also weird because I I have sort of been. Uh, gradually making the bit sort of fold closer towards uh, reality. Right. That, like, when I was pretending to run for president in 2012, it sort of was, like, a weird uh, kind of, like, walled-off version of me, a weird character version of me. Right. Because I only wanted to talk about a single issue. And, like, I never would have... 
as the president character of 2012, I never would have acknowledged, like, I do improv or I do comedy or anything like that right. as part of the character. Then when I go to... But I was actually, in a weird way, like, I could, if I wanted to, like, run for office and have a political career. Right. I mean, maybe not now. That Maybe I've done too much comedy that I've burned that... That option, is, but yeah. like I have, I have like a skill set where I would be good in a debate. I would be good in a right. Um, it's not crazy for you to. It's think not that. insane if I decided like JD. I really actually want to get into politics. Uh, that would be less insane than a lot of things I could say. Yes. Uh, in some ways, it would be a more realistic option than me saying like JD. Let's try and make the Terry Withers mysteries into a TV show. That's true. Um, <laughs> the um, but then when I was doing the Olympics thing. I could actually, while still playing a delusional character, I could actually be more honest about the fact that, like, I'm not good at this. Like, I'm not, like, I'm genuinely not good at exercising. I'm genuinely not good at any sports. And so I could kind of, like, fold it closer. Now that I've transitioned back to the presidential thing and I'm deciding I'm fully honest and I'm admitting, like, now it's actually become less of a character bit. It was actually weird when I did the show at UCB. Because I had, like, uh, Orlando and Langan and Gary and Noah couldn't make it because he was on a commercial shoot. But, um, and uh, um, Mikey did a song in the thing. And, right. and, uh, but, and then I had Aaron and Josh who had been my working people. And it was actually weird because the bit for the show, which worked fine, but it was different than what I had intended, was they were all still sort of playing the 2012 version of right. it which is like you're a nightmare and everything you do is, is a disaster and I was actually kind of like no I'm actually like I've like they made a whole bit out of the fact that I have I had acknowledgements in the book but they were done a month early before I'd asked anyone to do the show right. so I wasn't thanking them I was thanking anyone who helped on the Olympic bit right. and they made a big bit about how you didn't think anyone who's in the show for this book that you're doing but my feeling was like Rather than shitting on the book and saying, like, uh, you're dumb and this book is thin and right. all this other stuff, I was like, actually, I'm doing a bit show at the theater for which I wrote and published a book. Right. That, it, to me, I was kind of like, it's actually like what I'm doing is kind of a cool thing for a stupid $5 right. show that it's like, very few people do shows here for which they publish a one-time only book right. that you can buy for five bucks if you want. Right. And... Uh, that was part of the reason that I wanted to do it was like if I'm going to do it I want to try to do the stuff that I, any fun stuff I can think of that I didn't do in 2011, 2012 and I'm like oh a book is like a funny right. thing to do thing, yeah. uh, and so I'm trying to think like if there's like a fun election night thing to do I also want to see if like there's a reasonable chance I might be able to get like on the radio somewhere or right. like covered in some context and there actually is a satirical point in terms of like I'm running for president like the new like, one week ago, the New York Times ran an article, it was like a, an op-ed about how Donald Trump is perhaps the first major candidate to ever run for president just to get attention. And I'm right. like, they're actually, like, articulating the game of the bit right. that I'm doing. Uh, that, then there's that article that was like, a bunch of candidates that will not win. A bunch of New York nobodies that won't win. Yeah. And it's also kind of like, there are a bunch of these like weirdos who are really running but I'm like I guarantee you on most of those radio shows if you put me on your radio show I'll be more fun as a guest right than any of these like people who are just weirdos running for office right 
Uh, so I'm kind of hoping that at some point in the next two months there'll be some weird, boring thing right. where someone will just be like, Let, let's bring you in. Because I'm also willing to be like, yeah, I'm, I can also promote Don't Think Twice or like I'll talk about whatever you yeah. want. Uh, because I'm not actually trying to win. I'm just... Yeah, exactly. I'm just You're here to just talk doing this for attention. Yeah. I'm just doing it for attention, and I'm also pointing out that I'm not the only one, that there are other complete losers in this right. race who are just attention whores, who are actually kind of boring and gross. Right. But I'm at least like, I'll talk to you about what it was like on Broad City. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, that's more interesting than like lusting after my daughter on TV like Donald Trump does. You yeah, know? exactly. Uh, we live in a beautiful time. We live in a beautiful world. What a beautiful world. That's a Coldplay lyric. I'm standing up just because I'm sweating in my pants. And it's making me sitting uncomfortable. Sorry. Did you ever get that? Probably. I think I probably have had that. That seems relatable. Yeah. Can't think of an instance, but I know that... Just trying to air things out a little bit. I know that I don't like sweating, and uh, that's why I don't like summer, so I'm sure yeah. that's happened a lot. I hate it. I'm so looking forward to autumn. I love autumn. Also, I'm built for autumn clothes. Yeah. Autumn clothes are my thing. Yeah. Layers? Come on. All about those layers. I I look forward to when it's breezy enough that I can put one of my coats on. Right. Have stuff in my pockets. Yeah, that's the thing that I don't like about the summer is that you have nowhere to put your stuff. Yeah, i got to carry a bag around half the time. Right. And I've also, like... This is the, the this pair of cargo shorts is the only pair of cargo shorts that I like that's like comfortable. Right. It's like a, a, a linen kind of fabric. Right. And it's breezy and it's easy and they're like falling apart. But I'm like, I just gotta make a couple more weeks. Right. Um, but I basically like anytime I'm doing a show at the theater, I gotta bring my bag because I gotta pack a change of clothes because I'm gonna sweat through whatever I go to the theater in. Right. And I need long pants anyway. And You don't improvise in shorts? No. Same way. Yeah. Got drilled into me. I don't wear shorts at all, except when I play sports. Yeah. I actually end up wearing, usually end up wearing shorts at, at least a day past the point where people stop wearing them. Right. I, there's always a day where I just get used to them over the summer, and no right. matter how much I'm looking forward to fall... I don't feel the cold the same way other people do. So there'll be a point in like September or October where I'll go on the train and I'll be like, oh, no one else is wearing shorts anymore. Right. And then I'll be like, I guess I'm done. Yeah. But I never am the one to notice it and be like, time to pull out the long pants. Yeah. I like wearing a nice cardigan or a hoodie. My favorite is when I can have uh, like a corduroy jacket that I can put my hands in the pockets. Yeah. And nothing else. Breast pockets for my wallet. Cell phone in there. You can just walk down the street. Nice pants, some nice long socks. Yeah. It just feels great. I think your mic is dead again. Really? Yeah. No? Oh, then it's the transmitter? Receiver? Yep. This is the only down part I don't like about this is that the batteries die so often. Um, I wish there were, I wish there were a way to power lobs that lasted longer.
Cause baby, now we got bad luck. Hey, now we got problems. And I don't think we can solve them. You made it really be hot. And maybe now we got bad blood. Hey. Yeah, I think I did this one week, maybe. What was the song you did the most this season? Um, Panda? Work, 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 work. Right. And then Panda. It was actually pretty even, but for a while it looked like it was going to be work, 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 work all season. Um, Panda. Panda, 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 panda. Should we start walking to the train? Yeah, or I wait so. a couple minutes. Let me wait till I finish this last little drip of salt, sir. Perfect. Perfect. Hey. It's gonna take me a minute to load all this into my pockets. Just pockets. For show. I gotta load this onto my pockets. It's going go into my pockets. It's going into my pockets, mate. You live with ghosts. This is my my accent from. Oh wait, what was it? Yorkshire. No. What? Uh, that guy Lloydie, the improviser guy that would from the UK that would come to UCB sometimes. You remember him? No. He was the guy from the UK, and he would come and spend some time in New York and go to shows. And he one time saw me do an improv, and he was like. Oh my God, your English accent was perfect. He was like, you were doing a, a perfect regional accent, like of like, I forget what it was. He's like, like I've never heard an American do an accent that perfect. And he was like, did you ever spend time there? I was like, no, I don't know what I'm calling from, but I just picked up on something. And yeah. then he was like, uh, what? I can't remember what it was. He was like. My neck, he's like, my challenge for you is to learn how to do a, man, I can't remember what it was. It was something Shire. Lancashire? No. Worcestershire? No. Hobbit of the Shire? Yeah. It was like York, not, it wasn't Yorkshire. Yorkshire? No, it wasn't Yorkshire. Yorkshire. It was something, Dun-dun-dun-shire. But I watched all these videos, so it was hard to find them. But the accent was like, it's like a lot of like young girls. I'd be like, what are we doing here? That was, uh, what's his name, right? Who? That was Rick Ross. Oh, really? Yeah. We just walked past Rick Ross? Yeah. All right. Let's keep going up this way. I want to. Really? Yeah. Or wait, or do you want to walk over to Park Avenue for a little bit? Yeah, it's quieter on those streets. Yeah. I like that street over here. Yeah. Also, we'll walk past. We got the offices. It was like the accent, anyways, was uh. We're just trying to get with all that. Why are you showing to me? It was like very yeah. high pitched. Like. What do you think you're doing? I'm just trying to see and do what I'm doing, but I don't know where I'm going to. And everyone's giving me a hard time, but I'm not trying to do it. 
when um why are you doing this to me when in washington dc uh there was a night when passing the gathering offices now there's my old office is. window up there um i would we had free like um train passes uh in dc and shannon and bsj whoa there's a little mouse bunch of mice um they were in an apartment over near like dupont circle and molly thomas and i were over in these apartments over on i street north east i think okay and the uh it was like two stops on the train, but you'd walk over to Union Station, get the train, you go into the town. But a lot of days, if it wasn't, if there was some cloud cover, I would walk in, and it really would only take about 10 more minutes than it would on the train. Right. And it was, and it was a pretty nice walk. Um, can you walk over to Park Avenue? Yeah, sure. Um, and... The uh, it's always like the grandeur of Park Avenue. Yeah. Um, and so when uh, one night we were there was a Hill Country barbecue right around the corner from the Willie Mammoth Theater, and so okay. a couple of times that would be the place that would be open after the right. theater, and we would go there. It'd be open for like another hour or so, you know, because everything seemed to shut down super early right. in D.C. And there was a night, and it was like me and Tom Levin, who was in town for the week visiting, uh, and Molly, and we were at the... Uh, do you want to sit on this bench next to this guy for a second? Yeah. And uh, who is it? Jan Ratsky? Jan Karski. Jan Karski. Jan Karski. Jan Ratsky. Jan Karski. All right. And what, what address were we at here? Uh, we're at the corner of 37th and Madison. All right. I'm going to take a picture of you, and then you take a picture of me. Okay. Okay. Get full body. All right. Um, I just put mine with no comment on my Instagram. I'll do that too. Um, and so we decided one night after we were at Hill Country, we said like, it might be nice, let's just walk home. Like, let's just walk home through here. And it was, you know, the same path that I'd walked during the day. And we we're walking and we took a right, we took a left turn at one point and Almost immediately, I realized, like, oh, shit, like, we're, we may be in trouble. Because right. first we were walking up the street, and we did, I didn't notice anything at first, but then there were a lot of rats right. all of a sudden. And 
as we walked up to the corner, there were a lot of people, and I noticed a van pull up. And the way the van pulled up, it was almost like I noticed it in slow motion. And I was like, the way this van pulled up very much looked like, to me, this is a van pulling up for something illegal. Right. Like, that. this is someone who's like, whether it was drugs or sex or whatever it was exactly. Right. But I definitely all of a sudden was like, oh, we have just very quickly over the course of like, it would be like if all of a sudden we were just this block was that. Right. And there was no indication of it before that. And we honestly just couldn't have looked more out of place in the moment. Right. And so I was sort of a little bit a step ahead of them. And I was just like confidently like, it would be like as, as if right now I made another left turn. Us knowing like that's going back the way they came sort of. Right. But trying not to indicate to anyone that you were stressed out yeah that we were making a hard left to get away right and then for for several blocks it was sort of like you had this feeling of like being followed you had this feeling of like that maybe people had noticed a block away you were kind of now maybe drifting right towards you and also this very dc feeling of like suddenly realizing like oh none of these buildings are open right none of these buildings are uh even have a security guard they might as well just be mountains yeah yeah and I, and that it was very much like like right now we're on park avenue but there's a feeling almost anywhere you go in new york city that like right now if right. we felt scared we could run into this building yeah and there'd be a someone who could deal right. with us exactly um it's much rarer in New York City, unless you're under a bridge or in a warehouse district or something. Right. To Feel turn a trapped in the walls. To, of... Yeah, to turn a corner and suddenly realize, like, oh, there's no one around. Right. Um, who's just like minding their shop or running their whatever, you right. know, like. Um, and it was like genuinely a kind of like terrifying moment of of. Um, like feeling that's similar to the, the moment with the bike share thing the other night where it was kind of like, oh, I've brought my friends to an area where right. it's like not safe because there's just suddenly not people around. Right. Uh, what movie did I see recently in a movie theater where that was the building? I'm trying to think what where, movie did where, which I... Was the building? This is the building. And I'm trying to think what movie it was exactly. Recent movie? No, old movie where I was like, oh, that's the building. I recognize that building and it's these characters are going into it. And I wouldn't have known it at the time I saw the movie originally. It might, might it be Gremlins 2? The new batch? Is or is it? it something else? Oh, weird. Is it? I know there was something where it was like, an older movie that I saw in a theater in the past year. Well, I can look up the building from Gremlins to the new batch. <laughs> I don't, I'm feeling like it might not be that, but that is a movie that I saw in a theater during the past year. What's the address? Uh, Park Avenue, East 41st.
East 40th. Uh, yep. What is it? Is it? Yep. It's Gremlins 2, the new batch. Gremlins 2, the new batch. I knew that I had, like, clocked it away in my mind as, uh, like, I was watching it. Uh, Alex Dix and I, after a stepfather show, the stepfather's movie outing that ended up being just us because everybody else bailed. Uh, but we went to see Grumman's 2, The New Batch, which I hadn't seen since it was in theaters. Oh, one of my favorite sketches. It's, I mean, it's like just so insider, but the Key and Peele Grumman's 2 sketch. I haven't seen it. Oh, my God. It's so I funny. gotta watch it. Uh, Jordan plays... Uh, a guy who is uh, like the punch-up master at whatever like studio is doing Gremlins 2 so it's this big giant lavish office and there's this whole uh, writer's table of like 80s movie writers and they're like alright so we're here to work on uh, Gremlins 2 the new batch and so uh, it's kind of in that brainstorming phase and like it's like I think there's like a setup where the executive's like we're actually bringing in uh, some goofy name, like the like a visionary, the expert. He injects, he injects like you know creativity into every project. And then as Jordan comes in, he's got like crazy, like bright colors on. He's like, "We're about to get crazy in here. Whatever ideas you have, we can do it. Gremlins too. We're gonna have crazy gremlins." And then he's like going around and like he's like, "What's the first idea that pops into your head?" Like, he just starts naming all things that end up in the Gremlins movie, where yeah. it's like, uh, lightning. We'll have a lightning gremlin that he's going to have a dance number to a Michael Jackson. And it's like, it's in the movie. And like, <laughs> Katie Michael King is being like, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, no, 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 no. But it's just like, the, whole, so, the whole sketch is how, how Gremlins 2 got so insane. It yeah. is. Do you remember how it opens? Uh, no. Gremlins 2, the movie, opens with, uh... I believe, uh, kind of badly done late era Chuck Jones animation. Okay. And it's it starts off and it's like the Warner Brothers logo, and then Daffy Duck comes on, and it's like with Bugs Bunny, and then Daffy Duck comes on and is like, "Oh no, you don't!" And they start like fighting. He goes, "That's how we're gonna start this picture or whatever like that." Right. And then it just like rips away, and then it's like cut to like live action Gremlins Two, the new bat. So it starts with this. Right. Looney Tunes. Well, because Joe Dante yeah. directed both. And did you hear his WTF? No. It's so good. Because um, Joe Dante is one of those guys that just had the most interesting career. Yeah. He just seems like he had fun, right? Exactly. And he was part of the Corman universe. Yeah. Where basically Corman was like, fine, here's $40,000, go make me a this. <laughs> Hold on. I want to stand in what is... Maybe my favorite place in New York right now. What's that? Whoa. I mean, I don't know why there aren't 20 people standing here right now. I know. This should be a waiting list. It's just a big air conditioning event. There's an air conditioning event that's like blows cool, cool air. Um, Look at this. Grand Central's summer send-off. I'm going to take a picture of this. Hi. Because I hate summer. I'm going to say Goodbye. Look at this new food hall they have.
Here. Since we're telling time anyways, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna find that sketch. Oh my god, it's so funny to me. Got it. Jackson Jr. I'm the Hollywood sequel doctor. So studio just brings me in to oversee things when they about to drop a deuce. So that's why I'm here, but don't mind me. I'm just going to be over here. Y'all do your thing. It's your movie. Okay. Uh, let's brainstorm. Adam. Uh, if it's going to take place in an office building, I was thinking what if uh, Gizmo gets wet from a water cooler this time? Okay, hold on a second. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to step in here just one second, sweetheart. So what's wrong with y'all? Y'all looking like a bunch of sad sacks. This is G2, people. We're writing Gremlins 2. It should be a party with pizza and anchovies, pineapple. Just come on, lift up the spirits. Look, okay, I'm gonna put a little bit of spice into the mixture here. What if we did this? Everybody here gets to design their own Gremlin. Um... I, I don't see that the uh, the gremlin design is broken. It's called brainstorming, not brain drizzling, sweet pea. Okay? Shut your mouth for a second. Look, here's the thing. None of this is final. So you mean like, what if there was like a brainy gremlin? <laughs> a brainy gremlin. You talking about a gremlin with glasses who could talk and sing New York, New York? That's brilliant. It's in the movie done. Whoa, whoa, you, you said that nothing was final. That was before I heard the words Brainy and Gremlin in the same sentence together. It's done. I love it. It's in the movie next. What about a uh, spider gremlin? You mean a gremlin with eight legs and a thorax just catching pretty ladies in a web in an office building? Oh, my God. It's in the movie. I love it. Next. What about a bad gremlin? You mean a gremlin with leathery wings just flying around, flip-flopping, bust through a wall, make a perfect bat symbol in the wall, get outside, get in some wet concrete, jump up on a building and just dry in place like a gargoyle gremlin. We are cooking with gas now. I love it. It's in the movie next. Could there be a female gremlin? Lipstick, boobies, bitch, you have me and little gremlin for JJ. I love it so much that it's not only in the movie, but it's definitely in the movie. There's no backseats on that one, no penny taxes. Yes, 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 in the movie, duh! That's why we need a woman in the writer's room. Next. <laughs> I don't know. Lee-eyed gremlin. Because you talk about a gremlin, so purpose in this film, it's just that he looks stupid as fuck, yes. It can be in the movie, and it is in the movie. Done. Next. What about you, Silver Fox? Oh, electricity gremlin? You're sitting down and gremlin. Like you're playing Mad Libs. You're just like a child. You have the brain of a child. <laughs> you do not have a high IQ, but you haphazardly came up with a gremlin that's just made out of bolts that is zigzagging all over the room and is done completely in animation. You a crazy person, and your idea's in the movie. Done. Next. Uh, can we put the Hulkster in it? What? Uh, 
talking about putting Hulk Hogan, professional wrestler, turned actor, turned cultural icon in the movie where he break the fourth wall of the movie he's in by talking to the audience. You see? So it's done. I don't have any more time. So let me just recap right now. It's Brainy Gremlin, Spider Gremlin, Bat Gremlin, Lady Gremlin, Googly Eye Gremlin, Electricity Gremlin, Hulk Hogan's gonna be in the picture. I'm gonna throw in a Gremlin myself. Vegetable Gremlin, just write it up. I'm having so much fun, thank you. It's all gonna be in the actual film. Now I gotta go put some cowboys in Back to the Future 3. Sayonara, y'all. You guys know that none of that is going to be in the actual movie. <laughs> I just love Great. that. It's so good. Just because it is. Gremlins 2. I know I just made you watch an entire five-minute sketch in our podcast. That's all right. We were going to see a movie at one point. But I just think that sketch is so Are those cool. escalators on? No, they're off. Oh. Why? Oh, we're going to ride them. Oh, yeah. Um, like all these pigeons wandering around. The, um, but just the idea of like, I just love that Joe Dante has such a sense of humor that he doesn't take shit so seriously. So all of his movies are just like, yeah, it's going to be cartoony and crazy. Well, and it also was like, I mean, the fascinating thing watching it now is I love John, Glo- uh, uh, John Glover, who plays Daniel Clamp in the movie. Right. And it's so interesting to watch that this year and be like, the character who is this sort of like benign anti-hero in that movie because he's right. not the villain right but he's uh, he's not the hero but he's kind of like a uh, it's an affectionate parody of this like egomaniac who kind of ultimately helps out by right. the end of it he's like the uh, guy that owns the building right yeah but it, you sort of so Joe Dante was really interesting in his WTF, he was talking about that moment, or that character, and he was like, originally it was supposed to be a very, just like a bad guy. Yeah. And then the actor, who is it? John Glover. He was like, he's like, John Glover came in and actually made him a pretty, like... Likeable character. Likeable, sensible character, and gave him this, like, childlike goodness that he was like, then the movie became totally different, and we just went with that. Yeah. But I like that it was, like, written to be a bad guy, and then the actor was like... Ah, uh, he'll be a good guy. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of like one of the funniest jokes in the movie, and it's still a solid Trump joke, is that the logo for, for Clamp Enterprises is the letter C squeezing a globe and squishing it right. like a clamp. And I think that's such like, like clearly that's a joke that is from the world of like, this guy's going to be the villain. Right. Um... But they're, like, clearly parodying the art of the deal. He's, like, got right. a book that's for sale, and it looks like the art of the deal, kind of. And everything's got his name on it. Right. And everything's about, like, him making his mark and him, like, putting his brand on things. And it's funny to watch that and think, like, nobody involved in the making of this movie has any inclination that someday this guy's going to be this monstrous political candidate. Right. Uh... Like it almost makes it almost makes one feel like if they had a year ago said like 
let's make a Gremlins three where we bring back Daniel Clamp and use and make a, a, a third movie that is like a parody of right. current of like twenty sixteen Daniel Clamp is a nightmare politician or something, right. and it brings back everything. That could have been a very interesting way to follow it. Yeah. But I, I, I'm glad I remembered that building because that was one of the joys one of the joys of watching movies that were like New York City movies that I saw before I was ever in New York City Right. is now you watch and you're like oh that's where they filmed that yeah like I walked past that thing like I always feel that about After Hours there's that building on uh, Park Avenue sort of near 23rd Street yes that is in Fisher King and After Hours the one with the cool gate I was about to say that about Fisher King I feel the same way yeah but Fisher King's a movie there's a a lot of movies like that that I mean that's why I feel like when I moved to New York it felt like a fictional place and that's why I always feel excited to live in New York because it's like oh I live in that fictional place from the movies yeah I live in Gotham City I live in the New York from fucking Fisher King and from Scrooge and from you know what I mean yeah yeah Yeah, I'm trying to think what New York movie I saw recently. That's sort of one of the things that... Ooh. Ooh. Giant cockroach. Giant cockroach. That's sort of one of the things that um, felt like... um, One of the sort of sadder developments in the arc of Woody Allen's career is the way that the movies, even though he was always only ever portraying like certain slices of what New York was like, right? But in terms of the look or feel of New York, there's this you know great patch from like the '70s through the '90s where you really were getting a lot of like interesting glimpses right. of what it looked like. And those glimpses get progressively... Le- I mean, he's made fewer New York movies in the past decade, but I don't feel like anybody watches, like, whatever works and is like, oh, that's the place Ooh, where... New York, yeah. You know, like, I don't think there's anybody who ever got excited because they saw whatever works and they came to New York and like, oh, that's the place. Right. Uh, I wonder if there's any movies that glorify cities like that anymore. I'm trying to think, like... I don't know. Uh, you know what an example would be? The end of the Avengers. The Avengers movie. In yeah. Because uh, when they went and got shawarma, yeah. that's not something that's in any other place in America for the yeah. most part. Yeah. And so I remember when they came out, I remember seeing tourists walk by like shawarma place and being like, look, shawarma, Avengers. Yeah. But it is interesting. I don't think that happens as much anymore. I think the social network made me uh, like Harvard. Yeah. I wonder if something like... I mean, there certainly would be, I think, TV shows where it's not necessarily glorifying, but where it's, like, interesting-looking. Right. Like, uh, 
like the night of is certainly like very yeah like you see these places then you can be in New York and be like oh that place that place right but it's not necessarily it's not the same it's not like a fetishization of no New York yeah it's interesting I wonder why hey we're gonna make it we're gonna make it And if for some reason a uh, a train comes from the other direction first, we'll just get on that. Why? Because we'll just go three stops that way and then come back. And be air conditioned, right? Really? Is that how it works? Wouldn't another train maybe leave back this way before that one? Might. people on this side of the track though so I feel like we're due for our side first maybe I hope is Connor walking home now no who's asking underground town Cliff Henning says, I have one. Is it too late? Uh-oh. I think we wait. You think we wait? Yeah. The advantages are we get a seat and we are in the nice air condition. But the, dis- to- the disadvantage is that as we go that way, another train might start coming this way. But that might be a packed train full of... I'm not waiting 20 minutes just so you can sit down. But it could also be that this is the train we wait for. Then that's fine. I'd rather go home. Look at the train numbers. 74, 75. How do you tell? What's that? Which number do you look for? I'm going to get the 75, 89, 79, 36. It's all 70 something. And the train coming back is a different train. What See, is it? it is. There's it there. That's not a train, that's just a trick of the light. Connor, we would have been screwed. I would have been so mad. (laughs) I would have been so mad. The door's just closed. What if we were just sitting in there now and you watched it? I I would have been mad. It would have been some drama for the end of the episode. Because that meant it would be like, what, 30 minutes? Well, we definitely make the 12 then, though. Oh, yeah. We're going to make the 12 fine no matter what. Really? Yeah. I think we started a little before two. If not, we'll get that boat code. We'll make John do private time. 
for Shannon. Or we could have 12 heads each send in 12 seconds. And pay them all at once. Pay them back to back. So our listeners can each get 12 seconds at the end of the podcast. Could be good. That could be good. We ask every listener to send 12 seconds of audio. Yeah. I like that. More editing for you, though. That's not so bad. I'll see where we're at time-wise. That could be a good thing. Because I feel like, given that we, it was 2.25 when we were uh, leaving Bethany's office, yep. I feel like we started after 2. I think I spent a good 5-10 minutes trying to find trying to fiddle with levels and garbage and then we walked down to figure out where the Bethany's office was yeah then we went up and we waited a bunch of minutes for Bethany to get us then we talked with her <laughs> yeah, I think we're close. What's your day tomorrow like? Work all day. Work all Not day. a crazy day, but just have to be in the office all day. Work all day. Party all night? Party all night. I mean, I thought I had to turn with mysteries. Yes, we get a little break. It actually was one of those things where I was like, great. I don't have to do that. Because like, this past week was maybe the business week. I was so stressed out. I had to fly way too much. In the past two weeks, I've been on a plane. I've been in one, two, three, four, five, six, six planes in two weeks. Oh, we're going to be just fine if this train keeps stopping. We'd be mad if you see the other train pass. That's not how it works. What? What? It squeezes behind? No. You see it pass on the other track. That's going back. That won't happen. I'll be so mad. Don't even act like... Don't, don't try to turn the tables fictionally against... I'll be so mad if the other train doubles back on the other track. and Because the, they announced they're doing work on this side now. No, that's not what's going to happen. And we pull back to Grand Central and wait. And then the train lifts into the sky and we're stuck in the sky in for heaven. 10 hours. Heaven. That bring us to heaven and then we have to meet God and then God doesn't like us. Uh, did you hear that Lucas's uh, museum is now moving back to California? No. Where had it gone? Chicago. Oh, right. We're supposed to be Chicago, and then finally, like, people in Chicago, like... Like, we don't want this. We're like, we don't want it. Because it was going to take... I was reminded of it because of that picture. Right. It reminded me of those conceptual drawings of how it was going to, like, completely dominate, like, the Chicago waterfront in some area. Uh, it's like, no. And everyone was like, we don't want a giant museum of your toys and posters. It was funny. I took a friend to the museum moving image the other day, and she'd never been there. And she wasn't a huge Star Trek or Star Wars fan. Uh-huh. They have a whole section of just Star Wars and Star Trek toys. I'm sort of like, well, this section's of no use. You know what I mean? It's one of those things yeah. where it's like, yeah, this is just toys. Not really. We don't need a museum for this. Yeah. 
Like if you know the shows and have nostalgia for that, it's sort of fun. Yeah. But otherwise, you're like, okay. Yeah. Okay, a bunch of toys that I don't understand. See you tomorrow night at the movies. Yeah, after Terry Withers. Um, the only thing that would stop me from going to the movies would be extreme exhaustion. What's the What's the opening song of Love Take Manhattan? Uh, it's that. It's them doing their show and their. College town, right? Whatever follies or whatever. What is it? Dream Factory? No. No. Caper is Hey a Movie, right? Right. No. Which one's Hey a Movie? No, Our that is. Everybody. Maybe that's Caper. What is the opening song? Wasn't isn't there the, they do their show at the beginning and then that's the thing that they want to take to Broadway? Right, and isn't it called something Follies? Maybe. I feel like that's a real good New York movie. Yeah. Brazil the Rat. The Embodiment of New York. Um, I'm really looking forward to the. Advertising stuff. He gets amnesia and oh yes, and he starts turns, working for yeah. the ad agency. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Hello. Yep. That's a good one. It's shot in. It's shot on like sort of crappy 16 millimeter stock footage. I feel like really the whole movie. Because it looks it looks a little cheaper than the other ones. Doesn't it? I don't know. I wonder if that's always. I just have never seen like a brilliant restoration of it. It definitely feels like it's. Uh, I don't know what the word is for it exactly, but like the second one definitely feels like it is big, like a movie. Right. And it feels like a smaller movie than Grandma the Caper. Yes. Because Muppetation Manhattan doesn't have that many slurry cameos. No, I was actually surprised when I looked at it. It was like Dabney Coleman's in it. And, you know, there's like a handful of them, but they're pretty um, light on the cameos compared to the first two, especially yeah. compared to the first one. It also feels like 
they get like a lot of legitimate like legends and movie stars in the first one where they're going for like the biggest comedy stars of the 70s so you've got like Steve Martin Mel Brooks you get Orson Welles in there you get you know you you're going for these people who are making like the comedy movies of the day and by the time you get to Memphis State Manhattan it's like these are some people that if we were doing another season of the Muppet Show we would get to host together again is that the opening? Thanks. I mean, I always kind of, I always kind of consider that movie in a way sort of the ending. I mean, the the true ending, I guess, is the Muppet Family Christmas. But like in terms of like, I always feel like there's something so perfect about like, yeah, there's just a Muppet movie trilogy. Right. And these are these movies. I want to figure out what the name of their show was. I thought it was like Broadway Follies or something. Man, what is it called? It is a bummer because they all give up on each other for a second. Yeah, but it's... You buy it, though. Yeah, not like the new ones. Yeah, like the... In a, in a weird way, like... What they do in Muppets Take Manhattan is like, let's... Manhattan Melodies. Manhattan Melodies. In, in a way, it feels like they do that same kind of move, but they really earn it in terms of, like, let's watch them get a little bit, like, yeah. disillusioned and give up on their dreams, sort of, like, it's, it's a, a nice, um, somewhere in Missouri, I have, I believe I still have somewhere, it's like a, a press kit from Abbas Take Manhattan that is like sort of like a kind of like a trapper keeper sort of thing it's like a folded over thing that has the logo on it inside there's a VHS tape that has like a 10 minute press uh, uh, electronic press kit for the movie and there's like a slide I think like a film slide and then like some printed materials and stuff just for like local TV station to do us if they wanted to put in a story in uh, the local news about the movie Uh, I love that I just saw on the um, we grew up my dad had the uh, Muppet movie soundtrack on vinyl yeah me too that was and I would as a kid I'd always slide it out and just look at the pictures yeah it's it's funny to think like there was a thing for on the DVDs of Dr. Strangelove they have these um, the bonus features usually include filmed other sides of interviews with George C. Scott and Peter Sellers for local uh, TV stations if they want to film their reporter going like when you do this and it's like it's such a strange thing to think about that they were like even sending a a press kit with footage to a local news station saying like maybe you want to do a story about how there's a new movie and there's some clips for it even that feels like it's such a like oh you want a free commercial about your product 
Yeah, and also it's changed so much because that is so much now what it's funny to like send that out and be like Maybe you want do you want to, do you want to have it the other side of our interview where it's like now a new station would be like yeah I'm, we yeah like yeah we'll get a celebrity to do an interview with that yeah yeah and it's um like I think one, still think one of the most surreal things is that if you want to watch that you make it so that you can watch any movie trailer you want but you have to watch a commercial first before you I willingly know. watch a commercial it drives me insane if you want to watch commercials you have to watch a commercial yeah is that a sign that our, our consumer culture has gotten gone too far when we, we, we want to watch commercials so much that we'll watch other commercials to watch the commercials we want yeah was well, it time for me to hand over my mic no I think you gotta ride away in the sunset with it oh okay remember yes sir been so long since we've been able to part ways via subway. That's true. Because the last one, where did we end up? We ended up at that play that you're going to, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's been a good 12 hour day, though. It's been a very good day. It's been a 12 hour day. I felt good about this 12 hour day. I think people, I mean, if they listen this far, they must have liked something about it. And that was our 12th episode of 12 hour day. The. Yeah, we'll never have a milestone quite like this one. No, until our 100, 1,212. 1, yeah, our 1,200 would be a big one. A big one. On end train. Let's hope there's an end train just waiting for me. Waiting. Uh, all right. All right. Well, have a good day, Connor. You want me to just send you text messages and you read them for the next 10 minutes while you wait for the train? You just don't have to talk. I think we've made it. We may have. We may well have. I think we've... What if this is the first episode to end right on the dot at 12 hours? Oh, that'd be perfect. 12, 12. Perfect. Yeah. All right, right, Connor. Good night. night. See you tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow at your birthday. Yeah. Papa's taking Manhattan. Manhattan Melodies. I'll be able to hear you. You won't be able to hear me. Um, I hope that you don't have to wait long for the train. That's my wish. That's my 12-hour wish. Well, I'll see you, Connor. I'm walking away from Connor, so the train will come towards me. The train will leave before you know it. See you, Connor. It'll be good. It's been a good 12 hour day. Happy 12 to you. It's been a 12 hour day. Happy 12 to you. It's been a 12 hour day. Happy 12 to you. It's been a 12 hour day. Happy 12th to you, it's been a 12th hour day, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 24. All right, guys. Well, that was episode 12. I feel good about this one, which is the first time I've said that in a while, which means I know something's going to go wrong with it, or some, or maybe this will be the first one that you guys don't like. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I feel real good about it. I'm exhausted, though.
And yeah, I just want to say thank you guys to listen, for listening. Um, it means the world to me. You know, however, 150 hours ago, whatever it was that we started this project, it seemed like this goofy idea that we do maybe once, people would think was ridiculous. And now it's become this thing that I think means something to people. It means something to me and Connor. And I do think, uh, it's just cool to me that I'm going to forever be able to have these episodes to look back and see sort of what my life was like and what I was like during these years. And I hope we keep doing it so I can sort of plot that over time. But imagine that. Imagine, because man, I want to have kids. But imagine if you could find audio recordings, 200 hours of your parents, and not them presenting something or doing something or acting different, but just them hanging around with their friends. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that's cool. I feel like it's a nice thing to have. So anyways, um, I hope you guys are doing well. I feel bad because in these moments right now, I feel a lot of empathy for my listeners. Not my listeners, you guys who listen to the podcast. But then I get stressed out during the day when we're not doing this podcast. And so we aren't as, you know, we don't have as much ability to communicate back and forth. So I don't know. I just want to say in this moment, as it happens, thank you guys for listening. It means a lot to me. We'll see you on the next 12-hour day. We're going to keep doing them. It's a beautiful summer night. I don't know. I don't know if I have much else to say. I feel like I keep a lot of the stuff that I have to say inside these days. Because I feel like I've struck a pretty good balance with things in my life. Whereas I feel like before I was trying to figure stuff out and so I was more actively trying to talk stuff out, trying to work stuff out, trying to workshop the ideas of the ways that I want to live my life. And now that I feel like I've zeroed in on it, I don't feel like I have to talk about it as much. You know, it's like how they say, like, the people who evangelize the most are the ones themselves that are need to be convinced. Um, so I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good, but I'm, I'm sorry that I haven't been as, I don't know, articulate in these episodes. But I don't know. That's how I feel. Man, in the middle of these episodes, I get exhausted. I just feel like there's no time anymore in my life where I just don't have a thousand things going on. Is that it? Is that the end of me not having a million things going on? Am I never going to be able to live a life where I just get to sort of relax and chill out? Is that what I wait for retirement for? <sighs> I don't know. All right, guys. Now I'm just rambling. Outside the JetBlue offices, they're right across from Greensboro Plaza, a place called Commissary Market. I wonder if this is the actual JetBlue headquarters. I guess it makes sense if it was. It's also funny because I feel like I get more talkative when Connor's not around. I don't know why. At least not around, like, not coming back. I think it's because I'm usually alone when I'm doing this. And there's literally no one else to judge me. Not even myself, because I'm so tired and... I'm on an empty subway platform. But I don't know. I don't know about that. 
What am I picking up? Wait. Do you guys hear that? What is that? Am I picking up a radio station? Oh my god. I'm picking up someone's radio station or their car or something? What is this? This is insane. Yeah, it's radio, I guess. Moving around slightly. And I found it here. I wonder what this is. Let's see if it's a radio station or maybe. Is someone using one of those like iPod speakers? Well, there it is. Here's a weird thing. When I put my hand in the air, the signal gets better. Up, down. Up, down. When I lift my hand up, the signal gets better. What is that? Why is that happening? Now I have my hand on my head. This is so bizarre. What is this? Is this Korean? Because the Korean newspaper is very close to here. Are they using some sort of thing to get Huh. I wonder what this is. I guess we'll just all listen to this song together. I wasn't really expecting that. It was a good song. Dancing, dancing to this song. What? It's so weird that my lob is picking this up. I wonder where that's coming from. Does this mean they can hear us? Yeah, it's radio. I don't know what they're saying. What this is. Okay. Well, good night, 12 heads. This was weird. I think Connor's texting me. Precious start in your life. 
정수기 특별 이벤트 아쿠아비 정수기를 단 1개를 설치하실 수 있습니다. 6개월마다 무상으로 관리해드리는 아쿠아비 정수기를 놓치지 마세요. 펠리세이드 파 그랜드 에비뉴 선생이 있습니다. 비비큐로는 생요리, 생삼겹, 춘천 닭갈비를 2인분 오더하면 1인분은 공짜. 참소주는 6불 99. All right, guys. Happy 12-hour day. So long, and thanks for listening. And sorry you had to listen to that, like, weird Korean radio. I just thought that was fascinating. All right. Good night.